Hey now, it's your boy PSA Sitch here with another Sunday Sunday show with everyone's favorite. I didn't have anything for you prepared today. So that's okay. Wow. That's for right. everyone's right. favorite E-fab guest. <laughs> E-fab guest, uh, an operator of trolleys, mm -hmm. Adam Friended. Oh yeah, trolley problems. Yes. <laughs> Exciting. If you guys uh, didn't see uh, I, me and Adam briefly, <laughs> we're on EFAP. Briefly, yeah. We're Adam, on EFAP Adam bugged out. Look, a bunch, a bunch of people want to get on EFAP. So yep. there's, there was three people waiting. They asked for people to leave. I volunteered because, you know, I'm a You're cool a guy that way. Soul. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I look, a lot of these, I realize people are dying to get on EFAP. So. And I'm just, I'm terrible on shows when I'm 10th seat on the show. It's like, I'm not, I don't really want to fight to say something. And I always think of something to say, right? But everybody's, it's like a cacophony of voices. And it's just, a, it's weird. I don't know. I'm, I, maybe I'm just socially bad at it, Sitch. Help me improve. Um, hold on. I should really fix, I should really send Jesse that. I should really tell him it's who it is, right? No, don't. Hey, don't worry about that. Come on. I should we're, tell him. We got I a should, show. I feel bad. I feel bad. We got a show to do here. Why are you okay. even thinking? I'm gonna Look, tell him. Let that I'm gonna, go. I'm gonna finish. No, I'm gonna fix this. There's an important question here. A lot what of people want to get on. Me. I wasn't yeah. listening. You're not even paying attention. I know. Sorry, Look, everybody. In the I first... failed the show. Let's start. <laughs> let's end the stream and start over. And in, in the first minute thirty of the show, you're not yeah. even paying attention. Look, you give me a hard time because I drift off in like the fourth hour. <laughs> Mm -hmm. You can't even make it through the first five minutes. I know. Look, a lot of people, they are dying to get on EFAP. Can you give them some advice? Because, you know, when you're 10th chair on EFAP, it's very difficult to get a word in edgewise. Yeah, you have to just kind of bully your way into the conversation. Right. Look, I don't like to bully my way into conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just not my... It's 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 not my style, so... I'm real bad on those shows. Sitch is better. So, um, well, okay. So to answer the question, how do you get on EFAP? Well, it's simple. You make a YouTube channel that's yeah. successful or interesting, and uh, you hope Mahler, Rags, or Fringy notice it, I guess. <laughs> what, what am I supposed to tell you? <laughs> it's true. What, that what, is what kind else? of true. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, so if you want to check uh, us out, it was actually pretty fun. We covered a Wisecrack video that I'd never right. seen before. Our good friend Wisecrack, it was about, it was this kind of insane video on why the trolley problem, you know, the the classic meme, the philosophical problem, you're controlling a trolley, you have your mother and loving family on one side of the track, and then you have a thousand infants on the other side of the track, you know, which which track you're going to send the train down. And this, uh, this dirty, dirty commie from Wisecrack was explaining why the trolley problem actually sucks, and he hates it. And it was very, very stupid argument. Right. And he didn't say the one thing that I was thinking is the limitation of the trolley problem and never said on EFAP is that it only focuses on single foundational morality, the care foundation. I mean, you can shoehorn in other foundations like loyalty if you want to put your dad on the track versus, you know, some somebody you don't know. But really you're still i mean you're still kind of channeling everything into care i kept thinking how do i talk about lying which i think is an important 
moral foundation in in society like how do i talk about honesty Mm -hmm. in terms of the trolley problem you can't no (laughs) you can't well um, yeah i mean it's fine it's fine it's it's no one's saying that the trolley problem is like the universal end-all be-all explanation for all philosophical problems right Um, but if you're gonna do a video yeah take making the argument that the trolley problem sucks it seems like that would be a good argument why the trolley problem sucks yet nobody said it well i mean his argument well, you'll have to watch our appearance on EFAP if you want to know his argument. But anyway, enough about that. Yeah, who cares? Uh, what are today, we watching today? What's the what's the video? What's on the agenda for today? Today we're watching a, a pretty awesome and also completely insane debate <laughs> between Coleman Hughes and Jamal Bowman on whether colorblindness is good or bad. Right. And there's yeah. a very uh, interesting backstory to this, which uh, Coleman Hughes will t- explain in the beginning of this video about why this debate even exists in the first place. Which yeah, is I was wondering if we we're going to skip that. Yeah, but I guess we're not. We're going to watch it. Well, I could just explain it if you want to skip it. No, I mean, no, I think it's interesting. We can watch it. Okay. Uh, how much of this debate, debate, is over definitions? A lot of it. <laughs> yeah, like 90% of it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and that's kind of the problem that, you know, you have in these conversations is that usually when you're debating against some, like, hyper-woke leftist idea, you'll be talking to someone and they'll, like, suddenly, ad- it's like the, you know, mop and bucketing. They're going to adopt or try to adopt some far more moderate position. And you're like, well, do they not realize that they're carrying water for like insane leftist radical, you know, garbage and they're just an idiot or are they just pretending for the sake of this conversation? And it's it's annoying because it's not really clear most of the time. And with Jamal Bowman, I don't know what the hell, like, I don't know what he actually believes. Yeah, that's a, that's a problem that I have as well. I just, it's, so much of the arguing over definitions just avoids any substantive conversation. And that's the problem. You walk away from this thing and you're like, well, what? I mean, what do you think on the substance of this? Right. right. Who knows? Right. Uh, Nameless Ghoul for $20 says, hi, Adam. Thanks again, Sitch, for sharing my trolley meme with the EFAP crew. Oh, oh, hey, it's Kilo Kino. Glad you both made the EFAP's big 250th. Yeah, so he made a very funny, a very funny trolley meme. Featuring Wisecrack, so thank you. Sweet. And thank you for $20. Uh, Twitter sucks! Our circuit got uncle for $20 says, Stream started, awesome. I can go get a nap and continue to ignore the show. Wow! Hurtful. Sweet. Our own god uncle. You ignore the show, but jump in just to super chat. I love it. (laughs) Well, okay, maybe you're right. Maybe that's the correct way to uh, handle the situation. Okay, ready to jump into this? Yeah, let's do it. Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Coleman. Today's episode is a recording of a debate that occurred a few weeks ago between me and Jamel Bowie, who is a columnist for the New York Times. This debate was hosted by TED, as well as Open to Debate, formerly known as Intelligence Squared. The motion was, does colorblindness perpetuate racism? Jamel took the affirmative and I took the negative. Now there's a long backstory to this debate, and I'll give you guys the short version here. I gave a TED talk about colorblindness back in May, which was finally released about two weeks ago. 
From what I could tell on stage, the reaction to my talk was largely positive, but I could see a handful of scowling faces out of the corner of my eye. Following the talk, the handful of scowling faces, some of which were internal to the TED organization, grew in number and eventually demanded that my talk not be released. So after a long back and forth, we finally agreed that Ted would release my talk normally, but that my talk would be followed by a separate debate on the topic of colorblindness. Okay. How insane is this? So we have Coleman Hughes, who I, have, have you watched the Ted talk? It's like, it's pretty short. It's pretty good. It's like 10 minutes uh, long about the Ted talk. Yeah. Uh, oops. <laughs> okay. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. So he, he does this, he does this. It's a, it's a good, he does a good like 10 minute ish Ted talk on colorblindness. Couldn't even make it 22 minutes. What a right. loser. Wow. Horrible. <laughs> um, but so, I mean, I watched it and I was like, oh, you know, it's very good. It's not, you know, it's not offensive. It's not like some crazy thing. You know, he's not advocating for any sort of radical something rather. And it's just, in, so he does it and, you know, everyone, everyone watches it, seems to enjoy it. Everyone seems to have a problem with it or doesn't have a problem with it. And yet he sees out of the corner of his eye, some people that work at TED are very upset by this. Right. A lot of eye rolling. Right. Even though the crowd likes it because the crowd is made up of like normal people and not insane leftists. Right. And All colorblind people. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, who had lived their whole lives being told that to be a good person on the left, you have to be colorblind. And now it's like, no, it's the opposite. And they're confused. And so he does this TED talk completely uncontroversial. And yet these, you know, total a-holes behind the scenes at the TED place are just so against colorblindness because they're all woke leftists that the only way they're going to release this talk that he did, by the way, that he went on stage and performed for Ted, the only way they're going to release this is if they can set up a debate on the topic as well that's so insane it is it is look this idea is controversial for people they've they've it's turned colorblindness well they've turned colorblindness into racism and racism is controversial it, i mean it, i think it should be controversial yeah but that's what it's insane that like the the left-wing progressive anti-racist stance for the last 60 years is now so controversial that uh, yeah. it has to be debated in order for ted talk to release you know talk about it from a we're, from a black individual we're turning the ship around oh my god <laughs> i know it's crazy it's crazy i just it's a, it's the equivalent look everyone on the left realizes what um Elon Musk did with Twitter was a big mistake. You don't throw away 17 years of branding overnight, <laughs> right? It's yeah. the exact same thing. They have sev they have fucking 50 years of branding into this colorblindness thing. And they're like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Gone. It's all racist. Shut the fuck up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't you think it's like how is it any different? That's I agree. I agree. In this colorblindness idea is in billions of people's brains you can't just flip a switch yeah well and, yeah and i think it's i think it's literally again because you know leftists far leftists don't care about science or psychology or anything it's all ideology first i mean this this idea that you can construct a society where 
certain groups of people are allowed to use their use their racial identity, the minority are allowed to use their racial identity to confer power and privileges, but the majority are not allowed to use their racial identity for that purpose and just have to pound sand. That's in, that's not going to happen. That's just never going to happen. That's a fantasy. That's insane. That will never, ever, ever work. The reason that we've seen people kind of push back and go into ethno-nationalism is because any weapon you use against your opponent, they will use against you. Of if course. you are going to use and utilize your racial identity to give yourself power and privilege, everyone's going to look around at you and say, hey, they're doing this thing to gain power. I should do this thing to gain power too. Yeah. Especially in a place like a liberal democracy where if you've got the numbers, you have power at the ballot box. Yeah. Yeah. So this is completely insane. Now, as you all know, I am more than happy to debate these topics, and I have actually actively sought out debates in the past. For instance, I offered to debate Ibram X. Kendi several years ago and donate all the proceeds to a charity of his choice, but he declined. And whenever he has been asked about it, he has lied about me allegedly misrepresenting his work without ever producing a single example. <laughs> I like uh how badly would you like to cover that Ibram X. Kendi Coleman Hughes debate? Oh, that'd be great. God. Has he debated it? I don't think he's debated anyone. No, he? he won't talk to anyone. Yeah, so. John McWhorter's been trying to get him to talk to him, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, well I mean, that's talk about the real his bubble. Thing. That's the real thing. He just doesn't want to debate his ideas. So. Yeah, because he, he knows his ideas are, they won't stand. Yeah. He'll he's going to look like a moron. I mean, we listened to part of a while ago. I think we listened to a piece of him talking to uh, what's his yeah. name? Yeah, he couldn't guy? even get that right. He he used racism in the definition of racism, and the entire internet was like, "Wait a second here, that's circular. You can't do that." What was that guy's name? I'm totally blanking. Who Ezra he was Klein. talking to? It was Ezra Klein. Yeah, he talked. Oh. He had this conversation with Ezra Klein, who's like completely sympathetic and an ally to everything he stands for. And Ezra was providing like the tiniest of pushback, and he was like annihilating his ideas. <laughs> like, yeah, we covered that podcast, but he also did a. He also did a talk in front of some group. Ezra Klein wasn't there, but I think the Ezra Klein talk took place after this talk. You you remember the talk that I'm. Yeah, someone in the audience asked to him, define racism. Yeah. yeah, he someone in the audience during the Q and A asked him to define racism, and he defined it using the word racism. And everyone was like, "You can't, you can't do that." Look, that tells us nothing about racism. <laughs> right, right. It's the classic "what is a woman" thing. Yep, yep. Yeah, a woman well, is a woman. <laughs> Mm -hmm. A woman is anyone who wants to identify as a woman. Well, if they identify as that woman, what is that? It was like, I'm trying to find, it's like a racist. It was something like a racist is a person who supports racist policies or something. Right. Like, yes. What? Yeah. Okay. Like, well, the per oh, okay. so the person that supports the racist policies, what are those? <laughs> and then it was like, let's see. Um, what is racism? Racism is a marriage of racist policies and racist ideas. <laughs> you're like, well, what is a racist? Well, racist is a person that believes in racist policies. It's like, wait, what are we doing? Oh, God. It's so dumb. It it's is so dumb. dumb. Yeah. It is dumb. 
this is what John McWhorter hates about this stuff because it completely makes academia look like fools. He's of like, course. wait, I'm a part of academia. Of course. <laughs> it's making me look like an idiot. Not only that, I think he got a genius grant. A genius grant. Can't even define racism without using a circular definition. No, you, you misunderstand. A genius grant isn't for someone who's a genius. It is for a person <laughs> to help to them get become a genius, <laughs> to hire a genius, to fix their ideas, okay? <laughs> well, that makes sense. Uh, Duke Norton for logical. $20 says, I have no idea that Ted had to bow to actual racists as part of free speech. As a duke of freedom, an enemy to aristocracy, I vehemently against this dumb way of censorship. S class is the best class. Nice. I agree completely, Duke. I agree completely. Oh, and also, uh, guess what? What? We hit 50 subs, 50K subs. 50 whole subs? Oh my God, we're halfway to 100. Subs. We're halfway to 100, everybody. But no, yeah, thank we you. Hit, we, we hit 50K, 50K yeah. yeah. So Fifth, thank you very much. Uh, 50,069 people have subscribed to the channel. We've got, we're up 2,200 subscribers over the last month. So, yeah, go. thanks for subscribing, guys. A lot of people like our, our clips. So, we've been trying to do better about uploading daily clips for you guys. So, and I might even try to talk Sitch into recording a couple clips. So, you'll, you will only be able to see them if you subscribe to the channel. So... Wow, that's yeah. true. Look at that. In any event, I was more than happy to debate this topic, and I gave the producers a few dozen people that I thought might want to take the other side. Jamel Bowie was one of those names. Now, Jamel and I have no face-to-face -face history, but as so often is the case with writers who disagree in public, we have a sour history on Twitter. I think it was four years ago that I wrote an op-ed for the Wall Street Journal called Martin Luther King Colorblind Radical. I, I just want to point this out really quick. So the, the debate people didn't even have someone that came forward with a grievance and said, I want to debate, I want to debate Coleman Hughes on this because I disagree with him. There's just kind of a general disagreement and they had to find somebody <laughs> to debate the <laughs> other side of that. Does that strike you as odd? It's like, listen, listen, Coleman, we're not going to put up your talk until you debate someone. Right. Now, we don't know who, we have no clue who we want you to debate. You have to go find a person that's acceptable for us to debate. Yeah, what the, what the hell? This means the people who are bitching and moaning yes. and complaining don't even know what the fuck they're moaning about. They have to go <laughs> find somebody else to make the argument for them because they're just pissed. That would have actually been funny. It's like, oh, why don't the people who have a problem with the TED Talk debate Yes. Me? Now, yeah. that would have been funny. We could have mined that for cringe all day. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah. No, we just know this is wrong. We want you to find somebody that has good arguments on why it's wrong. <laughs> is, it, is it so obvious that the moral intuitions are leading the ship here? Mm -hmm. It just mm -hmm. seems painfully obvious in this situation years ago that I wrote an op-ed for the Wall Street Journal called Martin Luther King Colorblind Radical. In that article, I argued that Dr. Martin Luther King's values were antithetical to the values of woke racial justice warriors today. 
At bottom, Dr. King's version of anti-racism was to give race as little meaning as possible and to prefer class-based policies over race-based ones. Progressives today do the opposite. They insist that your race is meaningful everywhere and always. And they want racial discrimination under the euphemism equity to be injected into nearly all of our social policy. So in any event, Jamel didn't like what what do you think is driving that politically? I have a very clear belief on this. Driving what? Why why is the Democratic Party pivoting so much to race? Well, I mean, I, I've said this a million times. I think it's because well, I think it's for two reasons. I think it's kind of the same reason the right has fixated on a lot of cultural issues, is because it kind of circumvents populist economic energy. It's easy to fixate on broad race issues that, like, if you go into office and you say, I'm going to have a public option for healthcare, okay, which is something Joe Biden ran on. If you, if you promise some tangible service, right, like, you it's very deliver. easy. Yeah, it's very easy for people to see whether you delivered that on, on that promise or not. But if you run on something kind of vague, like, I'm going to make things better for minorities. It was like, well, what does that mean? Right. Or I'm going to end racism. What does that mean? Like, it's just so vague. People can kind of exist in this uh, murky field of whether they were actually successful or not. That's number one. And then number two, I think the other reason is just because, you know, they've been talking about this forever. You know, Democrats see the demographic breakdown for voting and they see uh, the demographic changing happening across the country. And they're thinking, well, we're going to win by just you know, trying to appeal to minorities as much as possible. Like, I think it's a very cynical strategy. Yeah, I agree with that. I do think that part of the equation is obviously demonizing conservatives in the Republican Party on race because if, if you had half of the black community start voting conservative, then the, I don't think the Democratic Party is viable any longer. So I think that's a big part of the equation as well. Uh, yeah, you could be right. So number three. But yeah, I agree with both your one and two as well. Just easy, cynical politics. It's interesting. My Wall Street Journal op-ed, so he resorted to the age-old tactic of calling me a, quote, grifter. Now... I'm not one to anger easily over these kinds of Twitter spats, but I remember this one got to me years ago because it just made no sense and it felt like punching down. At the time, I was a college student earning maybe $400 a month by writing, and he was a New York Times columnist making God knows how much money. Yet somehow, I was the grifter. Now, years later, in a different Twitter spat, Jamel backpedaled and claimed that the word grifter was not an accusation that I was in it only for the money, even though that is literally the definition of the word. Anyway, <laughs> suffice it to say... Don't you love this? I love the drama. <laughs> this is so insane. It's like, he writes this very, you know, innocuous, probably also super-based article about... You know, Martin Luther King, definitely in favor of colorblindness, right? Kind of what, like, is literally his most famous speech that everyone knows is all about colorblindness. His, at the end of the day, his principle was run, one rooted in colorblind, uh, one rooted in colorblindness. And yet, this guy 
just calls him a grifter. And then when he calls him out, he's like, well, how am I a grifter? He's like, oh, no, 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 you misunderstood. I didn't mean it in this way that everyone means the word grifter. Right. I meant it as a compliment. Yeah. I was like, what is that fucking... Well, actually, you know, it's possible. Um, and I'll see if I can find the specific accusation. Because maybe when he said grifter, he didn't mean, like, in terms of money. He meant in terms of he's trying to acquire whiteness. Ooh, he's grifting off he's the white it. privilege. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, I hate all these mental gymnastics. Yeah, I'll see if I can find the... I found... Um, I found Coleman's original tweet on it from a few years ago. But I want to see if I can find the specific language or specific time that uh, Jamal Bowie called him that. How long before they start calling black voters who vote Republican whites? <laughs> they, just, <laughs> they just write them down as white voters. <laughs> I mean... You know, black face of white supremacy. We're Look, the, pretty the close. black population in America is declining <laughs> as they start yeah. voting Republican. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah, we're down to 6% black population. Well, wait a second here. Aren't we closer to 20%? Oh, no, no. As they, as they vote Republican, we classify them as white. Okay, I found it. So, uh, Jamal Bowie, he tweeted out, he said... Uh, the face when the grift is incredibly strong. And he just linked to the article. And then he said, this dude really put a quote, what about black crime in MLK's mouth? Incredible. This is, this is, let's say, this is what he had a problem with. This is a part of the article. Uh, Coleman Hughes wrote, King's contemporary counterpoints were the nation of Islam and the black power movement, which emphasized racial division over common humanity. King didn't mince words when addressing this movement in a 1960s speech at DePaul University. Quote, black supremacy is as dangerous as white supremacy, and God is not interested merely in the freedom of black men, he said. God is interested in the freedom of the whole human race and, and in the creation of society where all men can live together as brothers. How based is that? I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, Wow atheist <laughs> he's a secret atheist socialist atheist everybody communist yes. that's what i'm that's what i'm hearing <laughs> based mlk over here right super based of course yeah and how could you after he says that how could you contend that he's not that he's not colorblind i'm glad listen i, I gotta use this because i do want to talk to some content creators who are making claims about mlk being secretly against colorblindness uh, while no one, while no one can know what King would have thought about the Black Lives Matter movement, we can take a clue from his speech. Where do we go from here? Given in 1967, a year before his death, he said, "Quote: Let us be dissatisfied. Let us be dissatisfied until that day when nobody will shout white power, when nobody will shout black power, but everybody will talk about God power and human power." End quote. If conservatives whitewash King's opinions on economics and foreign policy, then progressives whitewash his views on race. King discussed many topics that now are considered taboo, if not racist on the left. Consider the problem of violence in the black community. King lamented frequently and consistently seeing, quote, brutal acts and crimes by Negroes against Negroes in a week, in many a week in Chicago. He observed in 1966, 
quote, as many or more Negro youngsters have been killed in gang fights as were killed in the riots there last summer, end quote. A glance at today's homicide statistics in Chicago show that little has changed since King made that observation, yet such violence gets scant attention from racial justice activists. That's the line that completely triggered him. That's the black on black crime right. thing that got under his skin. It's, it's funny that he produces, and that's the only section that Jamal showed, it's interesting that that he put this on Twitter, and I read this. And I'm like, wow, this article is amazing. <laughs> this is a great article, and this is supposed to be like I'm supposed to read this and go, oh, what a grift, what a grifter, jeez. Well, if you're progressive, you do read it as grifting. Mm-hmm. He's making a lot of conservative arguments. Oh, and here's there. He had three more tweets on this. He said, uh, the piece. Has all the this is Jamal Bowie. The piece has all the hallmarks of someone who doesn't have a holistic understanding of King's work as much as he worked backwards from a conclusion. The irony! Oh my god, I hate these people. They're, they project everything. They're so ironic. I've heard this a million times. This came up when with um, what's her name? Uh, the what is her name? The, the Michelle the, Goldberg. No, fuck the. Martin Luther King was secretly in favor of violence, lady. Oh, straight raid? No, what? No, the leftist mafia lady. Who used to be in leftist mafia. Oh, yeah. Olay. Olay. I knew it was an O, it was a no name. But, um, no, because, like, th- when she was having this <laughs> I conversation. I love that you rely on my memory. I know. Like, it's Jesus, great. It's, like, it's terrible. <laughs> you have better memory, but then, you, but then I'm, like, trying to, like, get to something, and you're like, what? <laughs> Okay, don't worry about it. Oh, look, all the people I mentioned yes. have that opinion of Martin That's Luther true. King. That's that true. is the problem. That's when true. you say, oh, the the leftist lady that is trying to whitewash Martin Luther King, I'm like, that's all, all of them? them? Yeah, that's true. Okay, and I can't complain because I can't remember these people's fucking names. But no, it's the thing with the lay is that when she had this conversation and she was on a panel, she had a separate panel where she talked about this, and even FC Signifier was talking to this other guy about this, it's like, they're all like, oh, you know, please ignore... All these specific things that MLK said, if you take this magical, holistic approach, you can just somehow derive a secret meaning that was never spoken from all his works. Right. You just take all all his works, you shove it in your brain, and you roll it around, you go, oh, I just see the patterns. I just see the patterns. Yeah. They always include some hearsay from some somebody. It, It wasn't on the record, but he definitely recalls Martin Luther King saying he was a communist. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So there was no love loss between Jamel and me prior to this debate, but I'm nevertheless grateful to Jamel for agreeing to participate. And unlike his prior snipes on Twitter, he was nothing but respectful during this debate. In the end, it makes you wonder how many unpleasant interactions occur simply because the venue is social media rather than real life. So in any event, this is a formal debate with opening and closing arguments, and I really recommend that you listen to the whole thing. Colorblindness is also the topic of my upcoming book, which will be out early next year, and I'll have a more formal announcement of that coming soon. So without further ado, my debate with Jamel Bowie. Does colorblindness perpetuate racism? Guess who's going to read that book and who isn't? (laughs) Sitch, any guesses? No idea. Any guesses? No clue. 
Hi, everybody. Welcome to... Oh, wait. Before we get into the debate, Eric for $20. Thank you, Eric. Says, enjoy the show considering a Rumble channel. Um, we're not really currently, but maybe maybe in the future. Should we do a Rumble channel? I don't know. I've only you, had one experience on Rumble. Are you allowed to dual stream? You're not allowed to dual stream, right? We'd have to choose one or the other. Right. Yeah. I don't know. We'll think about it. Well, hold, hold on. I don't, I don't know that. Maybe you can I dual don't stream. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you can, but if you can, maybe. They're offering big contracts to these people that are moving over to Rumble. The problem right. that I have with Rumble is I think their numbers are untrue. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're completely fake and so I understand the motivation for wanting to fake your numbers because you want to entice creators over there. But I just, I mean, I don't want to stream to a bunch of pretend numbers. <laughs> well, listen, I can stream to as many pretend numbers as possible if we're getting paid. Okay. Well, if we're we not going to big juicy contract. We're not going to get paid. Everyone that Aww. talks about rumble advertising, they're like, I got, I made like 14 cents. Okay. So well, I mean, we don't make that much money off ads anyway. No, we make most of our money off of super chats because you guys are so generous. Thank you True. so much. You're, you're definitely keeping us in business. Right. So we're completely member supported, and uh, yeah. So I don't know. The answer is oh Maybe. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh. Uh, PC for twenty dollars says, "Is there a color corollary?" Ugh. To Sitch's law and the people that will redefine words to suit their arguments seems fairly common when racism is defined as people's plea or when woman is defined as anyone who wants to be a woman. That's um, a great question right there. Yeah, I mean, there isn't officially. There can be. Sure. Because um, obviously, so, and I mean, I've talked about this a lot. Obviously, this is a tactic that we do we see very occasionally on the right. But you see mostly on the left. I don't know why. It seems to be very specifically a left or a leftist thing to try to redefine a word to win an argument instead of arguing whatever the concept or the idea is. So yeah, that could be an, uh, like a subsection of Sitch's Law. It's definitely going on. And it's one of the reasons why so many of these debates do revolve around definitions. Because people are trying to move the definitions in the public's mind. This whole debate is around that. Jamal wants you to hear the word colorblindness and think whoever said it is a racist piece of shit. Right. And Coleman Hughes is basically operating from a more pragmatic perspective, thinking that it's useful socially and we have a giant investment in it. Yeah. True. True open to debate. I'm John Donvan for welcoming you to this special debate where we are taking on the question, does colorblindness perpetuate racism? We're going to get into the topic in just a couple of minutes, but first I want to explain a little bit more about uh, the context of uh, today's debate and today's program. It's being co-hosted by my organization, Open to Debate, but we're also doing it in partnership. I am delighted to say with the organization we... Can colorblindness perpetuate Racism, it seems by definition, colorblindness. If if you are perpetuating race racism in a colorblind system, that seems like you're ignoring colorblindness. Um yeah, but see that's the that's the problem with this conversation, is that so colorblindness definitionally cannot perpetuate right, racism. Yeah. That's the whole um, point. Well of it. well, okay. 
there's two ways to, to talk about this. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll give the good faith way. And I'll give, well, no, let me give the bad faith way. And then I'll give the good faith way. The bad faith way. And, and both of these are argued by CRT and by those advocates is that no one who says their colorblindness is actually colorblindness. They're all lying. Okay. That's kind of the bad faith argument from oh, the CRT just, perspective. Right. 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 They go, Oh, they're all just lying. They're not really colorblind. What they're doing is they're just intentionally, they don't want to help uh, minorities. They want to maintain majority uh, race power in the country by the system that was already set up. So they're going to enact a series of laws that will, without mentioning race, you know, be used to keep minorities down, right? That's sort right. of the bad faith interpretation of it. So they say that the people saying that they're colorblind are just lying straight up. The, the good faith interpretation by the way, when I say bad faith and good faith, I mean like from the CRT bad faith or good faith perspective. The good faith version of it, which I also disagree with, is the idea that, well, maybe people can truly be colorblind. However, because of you know the past, because of the history of racism, because of slavery and Jim Crow and all these other things, it basically set black people and other minorities on a path where they're so uh, economically... Uh, below everyone who's not black, that the only way they'll achieve equity or equality in our society is to have uh, specific laws and policies that are targeted at the black community by name to lift them up to everyone else's position. Right. And so they'll say, if you, they'll say, colorblindness will perpetuate racism because as long as the laws are colorblind, once the system has already been set in place in the past, it'll just continue to create the same outcomes going forward in the future forever. Right. An equal playing field is not going to change the social dynamic that exists today because they're so far behind in the race. Right. It's like you've all seen the meme of the two people at the race and it's like the black person has all the weights on them and the white person doesn't. And the weights represent, even though they're starting at the same spot, theoretically, right? Or I guess a better way to, to well, visualize it. Yeah, it's not I, the weights. It's that they're like, they've been running the race. They're like 15 laps into it. And then now the black runner is starting. Yeah. Well, I guess the better way to visualize, I've seen both. I guess the better way to visualize it referring to this specific question would be that you have the white person starts the race, you know, a hundred feet ahead of the black person, essentially right. in this yes. analogy. Um so even though they are both allowed to participate in the race, that'd be the colorblind aspect. They're both allowed to race. The black person starts off way in the in the past or way back there. So, I mean, I disagree with both of these conceptions. I understand that like the, the good faith version, I think that happens, but I think the only way forward is a colorblind approach and we can always do policies, which Coleman talks about extensively in this debate, where you try to lift up people uh, based on their socioeconomic status. As opposed right. to their race. Yeah, of course. That's the problem because there are plenty of white people that have started far back in the race too because they came from nothing. Yeah. Right. And it does seem like a total slap in the face to white people who have come from uh, lower income backgrounds to say, oh, well, you know, you get bent. We're not going to help you. Yeah, it's totally unfair. Where's we that all button? No, and love, and that is Ted. So, to kick things off, I would like to invite the head of Ted, uh, Chris Anderson, to join me for just a couple of minutes. Hi, Chris. How are you? <laughs> Good to see you, John. 
Um, it's very nice to be with you and with everyone today. Um, we've actually long... Just trying to navigate this race thing. You know, all these new people here. <laughs> very upset about this, uh, this race stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. Trying to save Ted from the social justice warriors. <laughs> you know that's what's going on, right? Yeah, yeah. This guy's old school. He's probably rolling. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> publish the video. What do you mean you can't publish the video? We recorded it. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, even though, oh. even though it is ridiculous that they had to do a debate for this, I'm glad because I, I like the debate. So I guess it, it worked out in our favor. I mean, I could do without the debate. Just it, the fact that it's... A big deal says something. I mean, I agree. Yeah. It really says something here. Uh, your your mission. I think the world needs more discourse around divisive topics, um, and uh, so that's what you do. <laughs> and it's really very meaningful for us here at TED to get to partner with you on this one. So, you're, uh, also, you're, yeah. if I may. Yeah, just say ahead. sorry <laughs> to say uh hello to the ted members joining as well today it's great to have you here uh, it's an important topic um um matters a lot to uh so many of you and so it's it's, it's just it's, it's great to have this experience with you john perhaps you could just tell us a bit more actually about open to debate and uh because some some of our community aren't familiar with you sure and so they changed their name from intelligence squared to open to debate what do you think happened there <laughs> what what's going on with that sitch i mean what's wrong with intelligence squared i kind of like that name I it sounds I think, smart i i like open to the bay better it's a better name oh do you intelligence squared <laughs> well you know some big crybaby mm -hmm. complained about the name you know that's why they changed it I, I okay maybe i just think it's i think it's kind of a dumb name but, oh, you think Intelligence Squared is a dumb name? Yeah, I mean, what does that even mean? It just sounds very uh, racist. I don't think. Oh, you think that's why? Because IQ thing. I I think it's just it sounds very pretentious. It's like mm, we're we're so smart. Our intelligence is squared. Yeah, I I think I think people could be upset by it. Like, okay, maybe. What's the, maybe. What's the matter with? Look, why are you putting so much emphasis on intelligence? There are other ways of of being smart. Maybe yeah. I mean maybe they also uh, shifted to doing specifically focusing on debates where before they hadn't. Sure. So. <laughs> I want to say. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I just look. I I'm certain of it. I'm just, I'm just so certain of it. Okay. Look, my gut is never wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone complained about that. Uh huh. Oh, the the complaints were very small at first, and then they just became voluminous. Mm -hmm. We're also delighted to welcome the TED audience. We are thrilled to have you joining us today. And um, to talk about open to debate, I'll make it very brief. Um, we share a mission with TED, uh, where we we share the view that hearing ideas is an important thing, that it matters, that ideas have power, that ideas live. Um, but we also recognize that very often ideas are going to be in conflict with one another. Uh, ideas held by people who disagree, but in good faith. And our goal is to get those people together and to get them into a forum where they can test their ideas against one another, to do so civilly and to do so respectfully, 
And for the audience who is watching uh, this conversation unfold, for them to understand why a point of view um, they may disagree with, which are the hardest ones to hear sometimes, uh, why those points of view are held by somebody in good faith. So we like to explore that by asking our debaters to come here um, with um, with facts, with data, with logic, with critical thinking, but basically to explain why they may disagree with somebody else. And what we like to say is let's be open to something like that happening. Let's be open to listening. Let's potentially be open to changing our minds. But let's, in the end, learn that we can disagree with somebody without having to think that they are our enemy. And in that way, we hope to um, advance the cause of civil discourse. So I, I, I agree with all that based and true. Obviously, yep. we try to do that on the show as well. I just, I don't, what's the point of even debating people who are bad faith? Uh, well, entertainment, obviously. Yeah, because they could be funny. <laughs> beyond that. There is none beyond that, yeah. Yeah, you're definitely not in the search for truth when you debate bad faith people. I know civil discourse is so much of what uh, what uh, Ted has always been about. Um, so, Chris, I just wanted to ask you, how does this idea of healthy debate uh, kind of live up to Ted's uh, tagline of ideas worth spreading? Well, I think it's it's integral to it and uh, should be even more integral to it. You know, we, we believe in ideas and because of our format of these short talks, it's easy for someone to conclude that we think that an idea can just come packaged neatly in 14 minutes or 12 minutes or whatever. Um, and we actually don't think that. I think most most ideas don't arrive in the world fully formed in, in a sort of neat cut and packaged. They actually need testing and they need exploration and they need nuance and they need do you want to skip to the actual like debate i kind of like this to be honest with you okay, was, okay. i'm thinking look i kind of called i wrongfully called sitch out on twitter what i felt, I felt bad about it immediately after i said it because i use that word reflexively and that was that wasn't <laughs> That wasn't. I don't, cool. I don't care about that. I shouldn't have said that. Why the reflexively didn't bother? Nothing about that. Okay. Me. Okay. Well, I just I I am constantly thinking about policy, and I came to a realization that I think one of the chief things that makes Donald Trump is interesting is that he comes up with new policy prescriptions that really um expand the imagination of of what we can do politically and mm -hmm. i like that and i think people do find that interesting and not you know the same old boring policy prescriptions that everyone comes up with i think this is one of the things that the uh fake has going for him that he <laughs> is coming up with policy prescriptions that are unique and interesting right and it's one thing that i think well, Sitch and Adam should try to do more and more and more. We're like good faith interlocutors here. So I, I test out a lot of interesting policy prescriptions. And I do agree with what Henderson, uh, Anderson is saying here, Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. What Mr. Anderson is saying about how ideas, you know, it's really dumb to try to come up with an idea fully formed yourself ideas are really created and 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 birth through interaction with other people so True. i just i i like coming up with ideas and and bouncing them off a of sitch and kind of developing them and uh you know seeing where things go so it's interesting that you said that about policy because i realized this is also kind of in tune with how i 
what interests me in storytelling as well. I'm not super interested in policy in discussing policy. Um, right. And people will be like, how can you care about politics and not care about policy? I mean, obviously, I care about policies. And if you're voting for someone, you should vote for the person that is going to enact the policies you want. But just personally, where my interest lies is more in the the broader philosophy and, and theory behind what's motivating people's actions. That's just what interests me personally more so than the actual policy prescriptions. Well, I like to pair the two, though. That's the thing. Well, I because mean, yeah, sure. You can be the policy and I'll be the theory. Well, no, policy has to appeal to people in certain ways in order for it to ever become a reality. Right. So, I mean, I do, I do think of that stuff. One of the things that I kind of always think about, it, it bugs me when I see people point to problems and they don't have any sort of solution i find that very unsatisfying mm -hmm. so when i when we're going to talk about a topic i'm starting to think in terms of well i want to kind of have some potential solution that would solve this issue like uh, we talk about uh the cost of housing a lot on the show well not a lot it comes up from time to time so I'm starting to think, well, what are the solutions to this problem? Like, I don't want to just bitch about the problem without having some sort of policy Bitching prescription fun, that though. I can say. It is fun, but it's, it's, it can't, it's so much more satisfying if we can bitch and moan and then say, and by the way, here's the answer, you dumb shit. Like, <laughs> if you just did this, it would fix everything, you moron, mm -hmm. right? So but you got to go that extra step. You got to come up with a thing. Like we, we complain about CRT a lot. And I feel like, I feel like we're on firm ground complaining about CRT. And I, I, do, I feel like a policy prescription for banning it in public schools is on firm ground because I do think it, it comes off a lot in the same vein as various other religious philosophies that have been banned in public school and i think you can ban it on that on those grounds so the war is really how are you defining it obviously the left is defining crt as just african-american history black history until you get past that you're not gonna these bans are all gonna look like racism mm -hmm. so let me just and then we'll get back to the video i just want to read your tweet that started mm -hmm. this Adam said, another way Sitch is way more conservative than me is in policy prescriptions. I'm constantly thinking of my new, I'm const constantly thinking of new policy goals to tackle existing problems. Sitch is often reflexively that against word. these new ideas. Who is the more conservative here? Kissy face emoji. Right, yeah. And then I fired back saying i am reflexively against bad ideas but you always perceive new ideas as bad ideas god um that's not true you just have a lot of bad ideas like, no sometimes uh, custodial voting <laughs> sometimes sometimes i just want you uh -huh. to engage look it is it's important to engage with all the problems that some policy prescription might have but sometimes I want you to also engage on the other side of that debate and, and use your brain to start thinking of all the, the good things that could happen as well. Like I could mm -hmm. be missing a lot, of, a lot of positive effects of the policy prescription. 
So I just I want you to engage on both sides of it of the I want mm. you to engage in all on all sides of mm. the conversation. Yeah. Mm. Okay. What's the you don't like custodial voting? <laughs> Shocking, I know. I have a supporter on the split minimum wage, an, an wow. interesting new supporter. And they need critiquing. <laughs> and and um, sometimes at the live conference, we get to do this. And the talks online, people don't see. Sitch didn't like that. Notice that. <laughs> I'm just ignoring you. <laughs> see that as much. And so it's, it's actually very exciting to have this chance now to dive in deeper. And, and nuance is one of our favorite words here. Um, and today's event is definitely going to explore an idea that we hope we can explore with some nuance. It's it's been nuance is just a bad word. People should stop using the word nuance. Nuance is completely useless in any of these conversations. Do you disagree, Sitch? One that has been uh, debated for decades. What? The word nuance. What about it? I was well, just, I stood up for like ten seconds. <laughs> nuance means nuance means something different to everyone. It's like a completely useless word. My whole thing is clarity. Like I don't like to use words that are unclear that people can can change to mean whatever they want it to well, mean. That's nuance every, is that's one every of those word. Words. I don't know what to tell you. No, no. So you, look, yeah. you don't think some words are clearer than others? Well, some words are clearer than others. I mean, I think nuance to me is pretty clear. But people, whether people interpret it as a good thing or a bad thing is up to them, right? Right. Yeah, and People no. use nuance often in dishonest ways, which can give it a bad rap. Sure. Nuance ranges from meaning needless complication to sensitive understanding. Right. Which is totally useless. <laughs> it's completely useless. Well, it's sort, of, it's sort of like, you know, a lot of times when we have these conversations with people um about something like if we're talking to someone who's a leftist about gender right like the understanding what gender is is a nuanced and complicated concept because it's sort of like there's an, a complicated intuition process that goes into play when you look at a person and you kind of put your brain maps like how you're going to categorize them and one of the first things that you do is you categorize them as like a man or a woman and how exactly that process works is a complicated, nuanced process, so it can be difficult to explain it clearly to someone in some kind of simplistic, objective standard. And right. so, for you to say like it's very nuanced how this process occurs, I understand what what the person's saying. It's saying like, well, it's a thing that we kind of all intuitively understand, but it's complicated at the same time to explain. There's a lot of nuance involved, right? Like, not, something is not as simple as it appears, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right? Yeah. Needless complication. <laughs> Listen to this fucking guy. <laughs> Look, I just I can't help myself. Listen to him. Listen to this joke. It's not that complicated. It is complicated because then you get into the whole like, well, can you define what a man or a woman is that explains what every man and woman are? Hmm? As can I you said, do that, Adam. As I said, yes. Needless complication define what a woman is Adam. you have dna yeah you want to do it on dna you want to do it on skeletal uh, skeletal structure what do you want to do people don't look at someone and perceive their dna ah. <laughs> you don't know that yeah okay 
What do you think? What do you think pheromones are? You know, there's actually, but there's no evidence that humans have pheromones that are detectable. What? I know. Isn't that weird? I, I mean, was lied it seems, to. Seems like there should be. It seems like there is, but apparently. I, I would hear my goal or my guess is that there probably is. And we just don't know have a way of detecting it yet. But. What is the t-shirt smelling experiment that they do? Well, it's not sm- they're just smell. It's not pheromones. It isn't. Those aren't pheromones no. on there. Uh, according to however these smelled. nerds define pheromones. The t-shirt smelling experiment is very interesting. They did. They had men sleep in t-shirts and they had, there's some genetic discrepancy that makes certain people compatible or incompatible fertility-wise. So they isolated those genes in the participants of the experiment, and then they had women just smell the shirts of various men, and they said which shirts they found more attractive or whatever. And the gene discrepancy measures up with the smell, which is super interesting. So those that smell that you get like, oh, this person smells funny. <laughs> really like is kind of a genetic marker mm-hmm. isn't that bizarre it it is it's very strange yeah yeah i mean it makes sense on a weird level but sitch have you ever kissed a girl and been like wow that was just that's not nah i'm not feeling that <laughs> that's the whole that's the this is the detection system yeah it's very it's very nuanced no it's not it's very simple well you wonder if that's like when one person um you know, it's like really into someone else and the other person isn't. And it's right. like an instantaneous attraction. I mean, is there some kind of pheromone smell thing happening? Oh, you know, wow. what, what is it? What exactly is happening in that moment? You know, That's I, an I don't interesting, know. Or yeah. is it just all psychological? There's just something about their physical appearance that psychologically, you know, hits someone in some way and doesn't hit the other person. That's the problem. It's kind of, it's, it's a very complicated thing to try to like piece out. Well, no, this is great because this is the redundancies in nature. If you think about it, you've got two detection systems, right? So one detection system could be off and the other one could not. So, you know, one person feels, oh, that was great. The other person's like, no, that wasn't, I wasn't feeling that. Right. That's one detection system firing. Both detection systems could fire correctly and both people would be like, wow, we're really incompatible. Mm -hmm. All based off of of one kiss. Well, I would see... With the shirt smell test, the thing that would have been interesting was after they after they did it and they kind of like figured out who the women were attracted to or should have been attracted to based on smell was to have those women interact then mm-hmm. with those men without telling them who had the thing to see if it actually lined up or not. Or if oh, when they actually interacted, like however they appeared would override the smell or maybe you have to be so close to the person to get the smell in the first place. Like you wouldn't you know, unless you were physically attracted to them, you would never even smell that. Right. Yeah, no. Uh, that would be great. Great confirmatory evidence. It's very much been in the headlines uh, recently as a result of the Supreme Court's decision to strike down affirmative action in college admissions. Um, and it, uh, I'll let you take it uh, because we really got the inspiration from, from a TED Talk. Well, indeed, one of today's debaters, Coleman Hughes, gave a talk about colorblindness at our flagship event this year in, in Vancouver. Um, and um, it's a powerful talk, and it, and it sparked uh, a, a lot of emotion, a lot of reaction, a lot of pushback, a lot of discussion, a lot of interest. And so it's, it's, I think it's going to be it's a, it's a wonderful chance to 
dive deeper into into that issue and it's it's a test on something that people feel so passionately about about whether we can do this john whether we can actually you know debate it in good in good spirit and and in good faith and so forth i'm, I'm excited to see how this goes well as you say it inspired this program we're about to do now and um, um again we're very glad to see how this works out the first time that we're partnering this way um chris thanks so much for kicking things off with me and we'll get started in just a moment thank you good luck so to what we are debating this time when the supreme court recently struck down the use of affirmative action in college admissions one of the concepts that the conservative and liberal justices disagreed on was that of colorblindness the idea that not using race to determine either one's judgment of another person or how to offer opportunities to another person is the most fair way to proceed and amounts to treating everyone equally but colorblindness defined that way also has many critics who say that the concept overlooks the realities of racism that persists in our society and that not taking race into account in many situations is the opposite of being fair so the court may have settled the law on affirmative action for now but colorblindness as a value is far from a settled question and that is what we are taking on in this debate where we are asking does colorblindness perpetuate racism so let's get to it and meet our debaters answering yes in uh, arguing that the answer to that question is yes I want to welcome New York Times columnist Jamel Bowie. Jamel, welcome back to Open to Debate. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having me. And answering no to that question, does colorblindness perpetuate racism? Host of the podcast, Conversations with Coleman, contributing writer to the Free Press, Coleman Hughes. Coleman, you are also a previous guest on the program, so I want to say to you also, welcome back. To Open to Debate. Great to be back. So before uh, we get started, I just want to explain that we're going to have uh, uh, some structure to this. The debaters will have in an opening round an opportunity to make their case, and then we'll have some conversation. And then after that, we'll have some questions uh, and we'll sum up with closing statements from each of the debaters. So let's get on to our opening statements. We want each of you to take a few minutes to explain your position. Jamel, you are up first. Once again, in answer to the question, does colorblindness perpetuate racism? You are saying, yes, it does. Please tell us why. All right, let's get started. So as you said, the question at hand is, does colorblindness perpetuate racism? And I think that before I try to answer the question, it is worth defining the terms of the question in part because people have different senses of what each of these words mean. So colorblindness, I think it's fair to say in its modern form is generally understood as Coleman has written, in fact, to be the idea that we should strive to treat people without regard to race in our public policy and our private lives. My main concern here is public policy. So I think we can say that to be colorblind means that the state in, in particular does not see race as a social reality, does not acknowledge it. Okay, wait, hold on. Okay, so he defined colorblindness. Here is public policy to be the idea that we should strive to treat people without regard to race in our public policy and our private lives. Okay. Do you have a, is that an acceptable definition of colorblindness? Yeah, I agree. Okay. I you, agree. You too. disagree? Yeah. I know. I agree. Um, I guess the wiggle room will be in what it means to strive, right? Like is strive a long-term goal? Is it a short-term goal? Well, sometimes yeah. they also, throw some wiggle room in to the word treat people right 
Yeah, that was right. the, what Jangles tried. The move Jangles tried to pull on us. Right. He said, uh, you know, uh, sitting at the back of the bus was civil rights. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, he tried to. Yeah, there's some insane. Right. He tried to say it was like these the are policy. colorblind policies or something. Right. You're like, what? They're literally not. What are you talking about? Like, yes. This is insane. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, it's a, it's a decent definition. I don't super big problem with it. At least that we're starting from. My main concern here is public policy. So I think we can say that to be colorblind means that the state in, in particular does not see race as a social reality, does not acknowledge it. Okay. That's bullshit. <laughs> he's already cheating. Right. So he's saying that colorblind means the state will not acknowledge the existence of race as, it, right. as just how people perceive it, which... Well, I guess you have to ask him, what does he mean by state acknowledging it? Like, you're saying it's on that you the don't... census. They keep track of it on voting records. They right. keep track of it in hospital records. Like, what the hell is he talking about? Right. Like, I think broadly it's fine for this. I mean, the state is aware of it um, and is aware that it exists. Does that mean that you should have laws should be specifically targeting uh, race in some specific fashion? Probably for the most part not. <laughs> You know, right. So I, but I, I don't think it's fair to then categorize that as like the state is like sticking its fingers in its ears and closing its eyes and pretending like race doesn't exist. Yeah, it's bullshit. But I think this actually raises an additional question, which is what is race? And we know that race does not exist independently of a set of historic condi conditions. Uh, specifically, the modern idea of race as we know it emerges out of the subordination of indigenous Americans and various groups of Africans during the 16th and 17th centuries. It was a conceptual schema that explained and justified their enslavement and exploitation. And so I think given those facts, we- So he smuggles in the race only exists to oppress people that's like a big that's kind of a giant claim that he just flopped down on the table mm -hmm. there well you know this is kind of something nate brought up that dialogue always got very mad about for some reason where nate said it's important to remember that they were already enslaving people and then use race as kind of a post hoc rationalization to justify it as opposed to people were racist and that's why they went looking for, you know, African slaves. Yeah. When they were enslaving people who were of the same race, they found other justifications like, oh, they're from a different tribe. Those people are not smart. Those people yeah, different are class, the underclass. Yeah. Right. yeah. We're yeah. the aristocrats. They're right. the, yeah. Right. Those people are the serfs. <laughs> like they always came up with ways. To, to justify it. Yeah, exactly. Of course, of course. That's what humans do. They look for ways to justify what they want to do. Um, but the weird thing about, I don't understand this. Whenever I hear these uh, far lefty types talk about this, they always make sure to bring this up. They think this is like so important. Race only exists because, you know, white people wanted to subjugate black people, right? They always bring this up every time you have this conversation. And I right. don't know why, because I just say, well, that's why we should get rid of it, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good point. That's a great point. Like, if, well, this, ca if this category was only like it created to subjugate someone, then shouldn't you be in favor of getting rid of the category? They can't get rid of the lens, though. 
because the right. lens is oppressor oppressed. That's the only lens they have on society. Men are oppressing women. Yes. Whites are oppressing blacks. Rich are oppressing poor. That's the only lens they have. So True. the lens has to exist. That's a great point. Yeah, yeah. That's a great point. But this is the thing. I, I don't feel like that is a, is a useful lens for men versus women because men and women have to collaborate on all kinds of things business family politics like it's not a good idea to categorize men and women as in a war of the sexes constantly sooner or later they have to collaborate on on various projects right. same with same exact thing with race why is it a good lens to look at race through why is it a good way to categorize race as some socially constructed feature of society designed to oppress people you think that's going to foster cooperate uh cooperation between the the quote-unquote races no yeah it's it, not no well and it's interesting because like yeah because if all these leftist race gender theorist stuff they're all rooted in conflict theory which is the idea that history mm -hmm. is a series of conflicts between different groups of people Originally, Marx had it, you know, the elites versus the the poors, and then now we have it mapped onto men versus women and white versus black. And if that is the framework, if the base framework of reality that you're proposing is that reality is a series of conflicts between groups, then obviously you have to defend the category and existence of the group. Because if you eliminate the category in the group, your entire theory if the world doesn't work anymore. And that is the problem right there. They're yeah. defending the lens. And race right. just so happens to be the point that they're defending it on right. right here. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because like, you know, we talked to so many people on the left, like, you know, President Sunday who want to deconstruct every category to meaninglessness. But you somehow have to protect the oppressed categories. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. And this is kind of what you know James Lindsay's always talking about with Kimberly Crenshaw and in her intersectionality paper and some of her other papers is that she was basically like, oh yeah, you can deconstruct every category except for black and except for oppressed <laughs> categories, right? Because to deconstruct those categories is like inherent racism or sexism. Yeah, that's where they get all their political power from. Yeah. Strange how that works, right? Don't destruct don't deconstruct the category where I'm getting all of my political power <laughs> from. Look, I, I want I have a an interesting question that came to mind here. Who who is the oppressor and who is the oppressed in the punks versus goth category? I, do the goths oppress what? the punks or do the punks oppress the goths? I don't even understand the question you're asking. Well, that's good. That like, is a good that is a okay, good point. I, that is the same way that we should look at race. That's exactly the same way that we should look at race. Is that why you asked the question? Yes. Is this a nonsensical question? Yes, oh, okay, because it's stupid. Okay. Like look, if I if I asked the like the the jocks versus the nerds, it would be easy. Right. But they they want to jam every single every single category into this oppressor oppressed lens and i'm just like look the goss and the punks they get along why would you want to force them into this oppressor oppressed category you're literally creating a conflict where one right. does not exist 
Well, because their framework of reality is just that there are groups that are always at conflict. And there so they have to look at it like, oh, the punks and the goths, they have to be at conflict eventually. This is, this is why that lens is toxic. True. <laughs> True. Because you're taking categories that aren't in conflict and have no need to be in conflict and never would be in conflict and placing them into conflict just by setting the, the, this system, just by observing them in this way. This is, a, this, is the, this is what colorblindness seeks to avoid. Colorblindness seeks to destroy that lens, that Marxist lens. That, that oppressor oppressed lens we're supposed to this this bothers me a lot because uh we recently did a stream where we talked about cultural marxism right and mm -hmm. it's it so bugs me that a lot of the marxists who object to the term cultural marxism they never address the substance of what cultural marxism means it's it's basically yeah. Take Marxism, I think you can boil down to looking at everything through an oppressor or oppressed lens, proletariat, bourgeoisie. It's basically putting someone in the proletariat and someone in the bourgeoisie of anything that you're examining. But to look at, at race with that, I mean, that's what cultural Marxism is. They never, ever, they, they just are offended by the fact that you're using the term Marxist in this in this derogatory way and fair enough obviously they're marxists so they want to protect their turf somewhat mm -hmm. but i just why they have all this training in marxist theory um, like address the substance of the fucking argument okay well, it's, it's interesting because whenever i've gone to these arguments uh with progressives or flavors of socialists on twitter almost all of them literally understand almost nothing about any of the theories or philosophies they're pushing <laughs> like, so you're like i was in this like argument with this guy who who was identifying as a libertarian socialist you know like vosh he didn't know that socialism was a critique of liberalism and he what? refused to believe yeah he refused to believe that social socialism was a critique of liberalism he sent me some article from the jacobin or jacobin and it literally made my point and he and i and i showed him i said your article you sent me is making my point. It's a guy who's saying, hey, I know that every single person views Marx as a critique of liberalism, but he didn't want to throw away the whole thing. And here's two elements that he wanted to keep, or he said, we're good. And I <laughs> no said, you way. sent me this thing that proves my point. And it's just like, he just can't see it. He just can't see it. And then when you bring up, and it's the same thing, because so, he's like, oh, I, I sent him some Ryan Chapman videos. Like, that's the guy that believes in the neo-Nazis, the conspiracy, the cultural Marxist conspiracy theories. It's like, oh, my God, these people, they just, they, they understand nothing. Right. They just, they just, they watch Vosh, they watch some other idiot and just tells them a bunch of shit that they, that their elephant, that their intuition goes, I like that. Yeah. And then when they say, oh, cultural Marxism, that's a Nazi conspiracy. They go, oh, boo, Nazi. <laughs> boo. Yeah. yeah no the, the i mean how, we could say it without using the words cultural marxism it's going to take a lot longer right i mean you're going to have to lay out the entire argument that i just laid out yes but i just look we can do it without using that term if it offends your sensibilities i just want you to address the substance of the argument never right. happens yeah i mean i guess we could one say one of these days conflict uh 
conflict conflict, conflict theory, theory yeah. based on culture <laughs> or conflict theory based on race race yes. based conflict theory yeah uh you think Johann, that's good yeah maybe uh johan belanger thanks so much for the 20 canadians says just started following you guys really enjoying your content the cope about colorblindness is awful they're just making shit up as they go. By the way, the enlightened centrist view is both A team reign supreme and S class is the best class. Well, thank but you. First, look. Now, I don't buy into a lot of this CRT stuff, mm -hmm. but it does seem like culturally A team yeah. is a little more oppressed than S class. Uh -huh. <laughs> they are, and it's a good thing. We're here to oppress the A team. Just just by they the They deserve their oppression. Just by the tone of the reading uh -huh. of the super so, chats. Look I at think this microaggression over here. Your your it, tone this is of voice is not good enough for your oppressing me. I I would call it a microaggression if it was an occasional super chat. It's every single super chat. It's okay? a macroaggression. <laughs> That tone of voice is part of the macro crash. <laughs> okay, how about this? Whenever I say H team, I go H team reigns supreme. <laughs> is that better? Not in Doomer's voice. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> H team reigns supreme, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> is that better? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Is that better? It is funnier. I'll give it that much. Okay. Dialogue right. always. Hey, thank you. Dialogue always gave a five. Oh no. <laughs> No, <laughs> that like always says, I find it funny that you keep asking why we don't deconstruct race, knowing that there are laws restricting or protecting people based around race. So you understand. Okay. This, this is a problem. You're sort of like. <sighs> Dialogue you, always. You, there are laws protecting people, people. Yeah. Like this is, this is the problem. You're, you're kind of, you're viewing this in this. You, you did this. I don't know if you only just came in now. You did the bad faith interpretation of colorblindness. Uh, that I laid out, which was that, oh, they just want to get rid of colorblindness in the law so that they can all secretly in their minds still discriminate against, discriminate against people. Obviously, because I said it a million times, okay, we can have the concept. And I feel like it's really bad faith, and I don't know why people do this. Obviously, we can exist in a world where I agree that there can be protections for people based on their biological identifiers, like race, and say you can't discriminate against someone on the basis of the race, and that's fine. Okay, that's not color. That is a colorblind actual approach. That is literally colorblindness. You're saying you can't. You it's kind of saying you have to be. It's literally mandating that you have to be colorblind. You can do that and still deconstruct the category of placing importance on race or saying we need to unify around race. It gets annoying that like. When I say something, and people should know what I mean, they, they know that I mean importance or unifying around it for political power, whatever, that they kind of leave that part out of their mind and they say, oh, he just, he wants to get rid of race. He wants to deconstruct race because he secretly wants to, you know, get rid of the Civil Rights Act and allow people to, to be racist. Like, that's obviously not what I meant. And you should right. be aware that's not what I meant. But Yeah. If we could press a button and all the racial inequality went away we would press that button definitely yeah of course but no i, I want to secretly be racist against people so the the people that don't want to de and, and this is also why it's kind of a that was you know an untrue statement when you met what you said the people who want to who are fighting against deconstructing the category of race they don't give a shit about rights in the first place 
And the whole CRT prescription is based on around the idea that rights are nonsense in the first place, which was based directly on Carl. You know, it's so funny. Like you literally, if you want to see that there's a literal, a literal direct line between CRT and Marxism and CRT, if you look it up, it says uh, the CRT perspective is um, cynical and doesn't trust the idea of rights because rights separate people from their communities. It says, I have my rights, you have your rights, we're all individuals, right? Mm-hmm. We're all these individuals are rights kind of walking around. That That is almost word for word lifted from Karl Marx. Really? Yes, from his on the Jewish question. <laughs> oh, wow. He that says doesn't almost, sound racist. Yeah, I know, it, it is. It's, it's almost a word for word lifted of Karl Marx saying that, why he doesn't like rights, so... Uh, good faith gary for 20 dollars. thanks so much is here to help with the systemic oppression of a team s class is the best class boo thank you good faith gary boo boo heckle heckle <laughs> jay bowman for 20 dollars says happy colorblindness stream a team wins <laughs> even if we're oppressed a team wins again there you go Look at that. We would be on safe ground to say that race refers to the set of social relations produced by racism. It is the mark on our social <laughs> oh, reality left by the fact that. Wait, wait, wait. We have to. I got to hear that. He did it. He did it. Century. He did. Yeah, I know. Centuries. It was a conceptual schema that explained and justified their enslavement and exploitation. And so I think given those facts, we would be on safe ground to say that race refers to the set of social relations produced by racism. It is the mark. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, I just, I I don't know how you can do that definition because at the same time, if you want to say there are distinct features of the black community, well, do those exist because of racism? Yes. Like, is rap music popular in the black community because of racism? Yes. Yeah. Are you saying yes or? <laughs> I mean, under his definition, it would have to be every. But doesn't that seem odd? It's funny because, and I don't. Maybe he doesn't understand. I've heard people give this definition, and it's funny because maybe he doesn't really understand how why the implications are is what you just laid out because then if 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 that's the definition you're going to give that means that every aspect of being black is, is a about racism. racism yes right and so why would you ever want to protect any aspect of black culture if every part of it isn't a product of racism ding 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 that's exactly what i'm saying right all of a sudden you're like well hip-hop music is we should get rid of that it's racist yeah well i, I kind of like hip-hop music i think yeah. it's yeah and I just, I've, I fundamentally, I mean, I disagree. I don't, I don't see black, I, look, I don't like the term African-American because I don't see blacks as Africans. I see them as yeah. Americans. That's why they don't really use the term so much anymore. Yeah, they use black instead. Yeah, because a lot of blacks find it offensive as well. They're like, look, right. I've never been to Africa. I'm American. What are you I'm talking about? I'm not a European-American or something look, and, stupid like that. And blacks tangibly... Um, tangibly represent american culture in a lot of ways right so i just i don't i fundamentally disagree like rap music is that's a part of american culture a giant part of american culture it is um and you know obviously lots of aspects of black culture have been adopted 
you know, worldwide as American culture. You know, people always like to bring up blues and, you know, things of that nature. But I think the reason he's using this definition is because it's kind of sneaky. He snuck in, he says racism is is the product, or he said race is the product of racism. And I think the reason he's doing that is because under that framework, you can't really abolish race because it's a product of something. It not it is not something, it is a product of something. So that's that's kind of he's like trying to redefine or define race in some way where it's like, well, you can't actually not think about race because race exists as the product of something. And so therefore you can't even attempt to teach people to not even try to think about it. Right. It's like saying like like you have a like a baker baked a bunch of cakes and you're gonna like, okay, I'm gonna teach you to be cake cake blind. You're not gonna be able to perceive these cakes on this counter. <laughs> And it's like, no matter what you te- tell someone, they're always going to see that those cakes exist on that counter. Coleman does a great job in dismantling this argument in this debate. Yeah. Totally annihilates it. It's great. On our social reality, left by the fact that one group needed some kind of ontological explanation for why another group was destined to be enslaved. So if that's race, then our definition of racism is straightforward. In terms of social policy, it should be broadly agreeable to say that racism, emphasis on the ism here, is a system of social action meant to inscribe relationships of subordination and domination between groups. The political, ideological, economic, juridical systems created to preserve a supposedly natural domination of one group over another, that's racism. We could restate the question here, I think, using these terms, but it would sound a little convoluted, so we're going to rearrange things a bit. To- so they always try to, so again, this is, they're always trying to sneak concepts in. This is why it's kind of annoying. They're always trying to sneak concepts into the definition of things. So he's just trying to define racism as systemic racism. He is, yeah, totally. He's just defining it as group subordination, but that completely takes... Well, individual not, prejudice off the table. Yeah, but not just the group subordination aspect. Just he's like, it's a system designed to maintain these systems of oppression, right? right. Or just exist yeah. to have these yeah. systems of oppression, which is like, okay, I mean, obviously there, you know, was systemic racism or institutional racism. Um, and obviously there were sy- uh, systems of oppression against black people, but it's just, it's very simple. I mean, I, I just think the classic definition of racism uh, to prejudge someone or to, you know, on the basis of their skin color. You know, to create negative stereotypes about a person. Yeah, he's taking all the stereotypes I'm always whinging about completely off the table here. Right. You know, I just to me, that's just, it's fine. That's the classic definition of racism. I think it's the fine definition of racism. And then if you want to talk about these other things, you say, well, that's systemic racism or that's institutional racism. But he's trying to smuggle the concepts together because they always want to argue that there is this kind of invisible systemic racism that you can't really see your point to and no one can prove, but it still exists. So you have to do something about it. Yeah, I think the stereotypes create the system, which that's why I think colorblindness fights the stereotype. Yes, I agree. They make meaning. When we say perpetuate, we mean to continue on or to reinscribe. Uh, to say that we to say that we are reinscribing a problem is to say that we aren't alleviating or ameliorating it. So one way we could pose our initial question is to ask. Can you ameliorate racism as a system of subordination and domination while turning a blind eye to the social relations produced by that subordination and domination? Okay, wait, I do. This is so dense. 
Everything he's saying is so dense. Okay, he's smuggling in so many concepts here. So he said he wants to redefine, uh, perpetuate as reinscribe. Okay, which is subtle, but that's important because perpetuate just kind of means to continue something, right? So like you could say if there's some system that you think is oppressive or whatever, you know, and all you do is you just you allow it to continue. It's perpetuating the system. But to reinscribe means that you continually reestablish or renew something, usually in a stronger way. So he's using perpetuate as like, oh, well, we're like reestablishing racism again and again every generation in a more solidified, stronger fashion. Which well, is obviously yeah. not what I would agree exists and is ridiculous. But that's a giant claim. There was a great chart that Coleman brings up in his TED Talks, and he, it's like a chart that shows it shows uh, people's perspectives on race relations. And you see it's like, you know, white people, I forget what the exact numbers were, but you see like the white people are like, like five or ten points above black people and thinking like things are less racist. And you see as time goes on, they're both going up at like the same rate. Both white people and black people overall think the country's becoming less and less and less and less racist. And things are getting better and better and better. And then as soon as it's like woke woke year, 2014, 2015, you see those lines both for black and white plummet into the ground. Right, yeah. And it's like, oh, what happened? Was there some magical racism that just made everyone racist? Or did all this woke shit become the mainstream and it made everyone hate each other? That's uh, number two. Yeah. I picked number two. It's door number two. To say that we... To say that we are reinscribing a problem is to say that we aren't alleviating or ameliorating it. So one way we could pose our initial question is to ask, can you ameliorate racism as a system of subordination and domination while turning a blind eye to the social relations produced by that subordination and domination? So like, oh, this is where you're talking about, you know, overly complicating a question to the point of like, it's nuanced, Sitch. You're just no, looking at no, no, no. This is because it's. I know. It's like I, this. Is why I hate the word nuanced. This is. It's really annoying because it's like needless this, complication. This is needless. Well, it's not needless. There's a very specific reason. He's what he's done is he's basically tried to redefine every word of the question in a way that makes him automatically right. Win the argument. Yeah. Yeah. He's saying, well. It's it's like the meme of the guy who's like, well, I've redefined all the words, so I'm automatically right. Checkmate, loser. <laughs> Tips that's fedora. Exact, that's exactly what's going on here. It's just like, ah. Oh. I just, in, this is another problem with the lens. You you can never have equality with this lens. Because you're now you're going to flip it. You're going to say, you're going to introduce a bunch of race-based policies that favor blacks over whites. Okay, so now what? Right. Now what situation are we in? Right. It's just now, so if stupid. racism is simply another form of inequality, and that's what it is, then our question really is about how we address inequality generally. So I think we can substitute inequality for racism in the question and pull it up a level of abstraction to this. You just said we could substitute inequality with racism. Right. That's yeah. a super, super Mott and Bailey, Mop and Buckets, right. Shell Game Switcheroo. Because you can definitely say, well, there's a system that produces some kind of unequal results. That doesn't mean it's racist. Or, Is the NBA racist against white people? 
Well, obviously, all the NBA players are extremely wealthy, so well, I was thinking I mean, more in terms of now poor whites are categorized as blacks. No, but I'm saying in the <laughs> NBA, there's significantly more uh, black people than white people. Of course, yeah. So, well, that's an, that's unequal. That's unequal. Right. So, is it, it is. racist? Well, I wouldn't qualify it as racist, but according well, to his under definition, his definition you, you would have to qualify yes. it as racist. Right. That's the problem with the definition. Right. I don't know if you know this, Sitch, but that's never how it works. <laughs> okay. It, as long as it's positions of power and status, nobody mm -hmm. cares if they're unequal. Well, if it's the minority is in the yeah. top slot, unless they're Jews, then everyone yes. cares because everyone hates us, but yeah, they're jealous, but you know. <laughs> Sad. Can you ameliorate a system of inequality without reference or retention to the social relations produced by that system of inequality? And I think the obvious it's weird because he keeps saying, you know, can you can you ameliorate? Can you fix a system of inequality without acknowledging or referencing the inequality? And it's like, well, that's yes, you even, can. Well, but even under his definition, okay, of colorblindness, which was to strive. To not consider race, right? That doesn't align up. It just means to strive for something. That's right. all it means. It means that that's the goal. The goal is colorblindness. Right. This answer is no. Consider class. Class is not simply a question of income. It is a relationship between two groups or multiple groups as it relates to production. And as a result, we mostly recognize that to reduce or, or even end class inequality, we have to also take account of class domination. Wait, 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 wait. Did he just smuggle Marxism in? He did, 100%. Okay. He's even talking he's, about the means of production. Yeah, because, wait, he just, okay, so this guy's just a Marxist. I, I missed this the first time I listened to this conversation. Because he said class isn't just about uh, income inequality. It's about production. That is not how 99% of the population, when they say class, they just literally mean like, are you rich or poor or middle class? It has nothing right. to do with your, yeah. where you are in the production chain, okay? Yeah. I mean, you can inherit money and not produce anything. Exactly, right. Or you could start a small business, you know, make crap tons of money. Right. You know, it's just, but it's just interesting. So he just smuggled Marxism into this conversation. <laughs> So they just really show, but this is a problem. All these guys are hiding their power level. All these they're Marxists hiding are hiding the fact their power that level. they're Marxists. Yes, and that yeah. they're viewing everything from an anti, a specifically anti-liberal Marxist lens. Right. To production, and as a result, we mostly recognize that to reduce or or even end class inequality, we have to also take account of class domination. We can't simply redistribute wealth from one group to another. We have to do something about the relationship between laborers and owners of capital and everyone in between. So he's basically trying to, in a very nice way, uh, or in a very, this is, oh my God. So I hate this crap. All these guys are lying. They're all hiding their power level because what he's saying is if class is not about money and it's about means or relation to production, then in order to solve- Means of making money is what he's saying. Right, but well, so what he's saying is that in order to solve the problems of class inequality, you have to essentially abolish capital. Well, I, I don't know that that's what he's saying. Look, that is me, what he's saying. Here's here's the dumbed down version of what I think he's saying. He he's saying that you can't just take 
income from business owners and give it to poor people because those poor people are going to spend their money on products and services. It's just going to go right back to the business owners. You have to take away their businesses and give those to the poor people so that they have a, a way to produce things and generate income. That's what I believe he said. Yeah, no, no, no. I agree. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I mean when I say he's saying you have to abolish capital. Who is stopping, who is stopping people from starting businesses? Look, I, I don't, a lot, I hear, look, I'm not a member of the black community. If you can't mm -hmm. tell, I'm like a white dude from California. So, <laughs> but I do listen to some of these, these shows and live streams with, uh, with various black creators. And I, I mean, some, it, it ranges because there are some black creators that are very entrepreneurial and they they say look in order for the black community to get ahead we got to have a entrepreneurial mindset we got to be in business we got to start our own businesses and i see that as a good thing but there are a lot of black creators that think that's acting white or being white or, or yeah, becoming right. white or giving right. into whiteness well, that's the leftist perspective yeah so yeah. i just i i'm much more inclined to side with the entrepreneurial spirit in the black creators that are that are saying start businesses it, it's strange that he seems to be saying i i don't know why you have to appropriate somebody else's business or destroy somebody else else's business when you could just start your own business right right inevitably when this comes up though if you bring this up on a live stream they're gonna harken back to the black wall street and what's the what is the where did that take place? Tulsa. The, the, Tulsa, that's it. The Tulsa Massacre and Black Wall Street, right? They're going to basically say, well, black people aren't allowed to start their own businesses as if that didn't happen 90 years ago. Right. Right. And had nothing to do with white people saying we need to go stop right. black people from yeah. businesses. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's kind of just an excuse. So yeah. starting, starting businesses is hard. And like every single business, every single white person is not a business owner because a lot of people just don't want the responsibility. So Sure. Not everyone has that, uh, the brain for it. I don't really have the brain for well, it. Well, look, <laughs> sit up. I have the brain for it. I'm not necessarily sure I want that kind of responsibility. Right. So there's two twofold there. Yeah. Okay, let, let me go back for a second because I want to hear his full answer to this uninterrupted. Groups as it relates to production, the answer is no. Consider class. Class is not simply a question of income. It is a relationship between two groups or multiple groups as it relates to production. And as a result, we mostly recognize that to reduce or, or even end class inequality, we have to also take account of class domination. We can't simply redistribute wealth from one group to another. We have to do something about the relationship between laborers and owners of capital and everyone in between. Otherwise, we end up in the same place that we started. And so back in the 1930s, when we began... Okay, so what he's saying is... I don't know why the camera switched to Coleman. So what he's saying is he's, just, he's literally just laid out the most standard version of Marxism. Right. That, you know, we need to abolish capital ownership. Now, I don't know what if he's in favor of state ownership of everything or if he's in one of these, everything should be run by a co-op. Probably the co-op model because that's what's popular nowadays. But it's just, it's annoying to me that these people that are just Marxists are arguing anti-liberal Marxist gobbledygook to a left-wing audience of 
liberals and they just hide, they intentionally hide their power level or they word it in a way like if it wasn't for all of my horrible readings of all this Marxist gobbledygook and I was just a random person, you know, 10 years ago and I heard him say that, all that would have just gone straight over my head. I wouldn't have understood anything that he was referencing at that point. Yeah, I, just I like, agree. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Right. And not only that, he's doing this in a debate about colorblindness and race. What the fuck? And we're not even allowed to say the word cultural Marxism. What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? This but is literally a debate about racism. I'm glad. And this though, guy's entire opening statement is about Marxism. <laughs> Dude, you disagree, Sitch? What the fuck? No, I agree completely. I agree completely. But I'm glad he did it because it really... It gives away, if you're paying attention or you have the prerequisite knowledge, it gives the game away. Yeah, it totally go, does. Oh, this guy's just a Marxist. Yeah. That's it. That's the answer to the question. He's just a Marxist. Obviously, Marxists don't agree with colorblindness for the million reasons that we've already talked about. So, Right, but it's, their reason for disagreeing with it is particularly insidious. And the only reason that people at the TED, at the TED Talk are all rolling their eyes and uncomfortable with this is because they've been told by a black person that colorblindness is racist. They don't know all this stuff that goes along with it. Right. That's the only reason they feel uncomfortable about this. This yeah. is this is so insidious. Yeah. This is so dishonest. Yep. Yeah. And to really tackle this. class inequality in a serious way, we passed both the Social Security Act and the Works Progress Administration, but also the National Labor Relations Act aimed directly at reconfiguring the relationships between workers and non-workers. We recognize... Well, no, so it's interesting. So he, he gave two... I don't know what the last thing that he referenced was. I'll go, I'll go look it up. Wait, I'll go back. That's what it was called end up in the same place that we started. And so back in the 1930s, when we began to... That, they cut to Coleman Hughes here because he's like, why am I in a Marxist debate? I thought we were talking about, <laughs> I thought we were talking about racism and colorblindness. Right, right. Oh, man. I just... Is there polling numbers on the black community and their... Affinity to Marxism? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah. How would you... I'm, I wonder how probably the black community high. would feel about their community being run by Marxists. Yeah, probably not high. Yeah. Really tackle class inequality in a serious way, we passed both the Social Security Act and the Works Progress Administration, but also the National Labor Relations Act aimed directly at reconfiguring the relationships between workers and non-workers. We recognize that it was not okay, simply so I'm, people... I want to look up what that National Labor Relations Act is. Yeah. I'm not clear, but... It's interesting because he the two first examples he brings up are not Marx, you know, like Social Security. That's not a that's not changing the relationship between labor and capital. It's literally just giving people money. <laughs> like right. so, it's just that that's I don't know why he would bring that up. That's a completely that kind of destroys his position entirely. Right, and it's and it's race neutral. It's col it's literally a colorblind policy. Right, but no. So he what he's trying to say is that like he's trying to say. In order to alleviate class problems, you have to, you can't be class blind. You have to address class. Right. That's what he's saying. But then, but this is why this is like a stupid thing. We would say that theoretically in our liberal society, we should be class blind in the terms of 
if you see someone or you meet someone who's from a quote different class than you, whether it be lower or higher, you shouldn't create a bunch of assumptions in your head about what that means for that person. Like that's what it'd be to be class blind. It doesn't mean that that the government should not say, well, if you're poor and you need assistance, you can get it. Like it's just this total conflation straw man of what anyone's talking about in these conversations. Of course, yeah. And we literally have progressive taxation. Imagine something like that in in the case of race, which I mean, right. they're in favor of something like that in the case of race. Uh, the National Labor Relations Act of 1935, also known as the Wagner Act, is a foundational statute of U.S. state United States labor law that guarantees the right of private sector employees to organize in the trade unions, engage in collective bargaining, and take collective actions such as strikes. Central to the act was a ban on company unions. Okay, so this does not have anything to do with Marxism at all, even remotely. You could obviously have unions and collective bargaining by workers under liberal society and capitalism. Yeah, we do have that. Yeah. So again, he brings this up in a in a fundamentally uh, dishonest fashion, I would argue. Yeah, the distribution the the fairness of distribution between labor and management. You don't need a Marxist lens to look at. Okay. Well, all all the yeah. Marxist lens does is tell you one side is the oppressor and one side is the oppressed. So the argument he's trying to make is kind of complicated why this argument's stupid. He's trying to say, okay, when it came to class, we passed a law that acknowledges that there's workers and there's management, and therefore workers are protected along the lines of being the category of worker to unionize and to strike against management or capital ownership. And so he's comparing that to, therefore, in order for black people to address issues, they need to have that same kind of version where like black people can organize in a theoretical union of sorts to address for claims against white people. That's, he, that's the comparison he's trying to make. Wow. The reason that this is stupid and doesn't make any sense is because as he's already laid out, the difference here is that with race, race was an artificial category that was post hoc constructed to rationalize subjugating black people as slaves. Right. And so the way to to get so we should all be in favor of eliminating this completely artificially created post hoc created uh, justification for bigotry. That would be the, the goal. Or when we're talking about class, class is not an artificial top-down construction created by some sort of post hoc individual. It's an emergent property of, of, of just working. Someone starts a business, someone owns land, someone owns a thing, and they say, I need to hire a person to work and do a thing. And so if they do. And by the nature of that relationship, there's going to be an unequal distribution of power. Right. Uh, so that emerges. Right. So to compare these two things is really stupid. Yeah. People who are disadvantaged, it was workers, and we acted accordingly. So unless racism is a special kind of inequality, then the same goes for it as well. The way to address it, to ameliorate it, is to at least take note of and respond to the social relations that structured and continue to structure its ongoing existence. Uh, and that would put us against uh, an ideal of colorblindness.
Thank you very much, Jim. So I think, as you said, Adam, the social relations that create these racisms that he's talking about is the fact that people are racist. Um. Okay. Like if if people were colorblind and they didn't have these prejudices prejudices and stereotypes in their mind, they wouldn't be producing racist systems or acting in racist ways. So I'm correct. You are correct. Okay. Good. I know it's shocking to Oof. you, but sometimes you're. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look. I'm often correct. So. Uh huh. I'm the underdog here. People love it when I'm correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, Euros Nikolic. 95 for 2,500 RSDs. Well, thank you. I don't know what RSDs are. Serbian dinars. Well, thank you. Uh, says, how, oh, and thank you. This is your very first super chat. Thank you. Even though I probably butchered your name. How can I force Sitchin Adam to read my book without doing anything illegal? It's called Fragmented Mind. I mean, I'll, I'll read a few pages, and if it's good, I'll keep going. So okay, I'll send sometimes you, people try to get yeah. me to read stuff, and it's just not well thought out. Or oh, he wrote this book. Yeah, but it, look, I'm willing to accept that someone could just write a book that's well thought out and interesting. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm making sure. Yeah. If when I said when I said his book, I meant literally his book. No, I understand that. Yeah, okay. and like I said, I will read a few pages. And if you grab me in the first few pages and I want to continue to go, I, I will continue right. to go. People do suggest books sometimes, and I do check them out, and I think, why did you recommend me this book? Like, this is, like, <laughs> maybe, I don't know if you watch a show or anything, but this book is just, I mean, it's a mess, and, mm -hmm. like, nothing I'd be interested in. But I do all, I, I usually check out everything people ask me to check out, and, some of it is some of it's great. I think, oh my god, thank you for sharing this with me. And some of it is not as great, but okay. I still thank you for sharing it with me because you know maybe I would have been interested. Well, the book looks interesting. I sent you a link on Amazon. Okay, cool. So we'll check it out. Yeah. Well, I think I I want to do a call-in stream on the MMT stuff too, but I got to kind of. Well, I just the lot of people are really seem upset and now I'm more I'm more interested in why are people so triggered by this stuff? Jeez. I thought oh, we well, You're not triggered by it, right? I'm triggered by the I'm triggered by the thought of doing a concentration. We thought of doing a concentration. Look, we can we can oh we can section it off. We can say, look, we're not going to do more than an hour or two, oh or whatever you want to do. But. I just okay, whatever. We'll talk about it later. Mal um, Van Gogh for twenty dollars says, "Racism is the belief that one race is inherently superior than another. Racism isn't your fart on a butterfly and it disproportionately flaps its wings on a minority group." <laughs> right. That's a really good way of framing it. I do like that. I like it. It's yes. straight to the point. It's there not needlessly go. complicated. Right. Uh, oh, even though it's the $20, let me read it because it's what we were talking about earlier. Nax last for $5 says, Sitchin Adam, resident biologist here. Humans can't detect pheromones because we lost the vomoronasal organ most mammals have, which specializes in social smells. Really? Okay. Well, I stand corrected. Interesting. I hope I remember that. A lot of times I get corrected on things and I forget. It takes a while to sink in. Yeah. Yeah, sure. People have pointed out 
and I think I might I might actually be guilty of this. Although mm -hmm. it's funny, the the person that pointed this out in the comments, the, what they were the instance that they were pointing to, I wasn't guilty of it. So in that particular situation, sometimes I think I I use a stereotype of progressives that is is as unfair as the stereotype I'm often fighting of conservatives as greedy racists and i think that there is some validity to that i don't know why i do that mm -hmm. do you do you think that's going on you think that's happening i wasn't listening oh okay we'll what'd you on. say i was reading this article christian Sometime. boss sent me an article that that contradicts the pheromones thing but what are you saying oh so <laughs> it's not true no, there's the articles. There, there's an article. It's funny. It's from BetterHelp, which is hilarious because we were talking about that on uh, right. app yesterday. Uh, this article Isn't it funny that, how all the communists advertise for mental health yeah. treatments? What's that? What What's, what's up going on with there? That? What's going on there? Yeah, communism is not a cure for mental health. It's a right. it's a way to destroy your mental health. So this is interesting. Was, what would you ask me? The, if you want, yeah, we could be guilty of using a negative stereotype of progressives that they're all i don't feel like i'm doing this i don't but mm -hmm. if you can point out areas where i do where i just say oh all progressives are groomers <laughs> like i would never say that that's why no like, i mean and i usually try to i mean i'm usually conceptualizing progressives is like um you know ignorant people Maybe there's your stereotype. Ignorant people that are carrying water for socialism and don't realize it. Right. But that's not all progressives. No, it's most progressives. Right. There's also the actual socialists who are pretending to be progressives but aren't because they're socialists. Right. So in this article, it's interesting. So beyond the um, scent study that you were talking about, they did another study where they they did the t-shirt the test with heterosexual and homosexual men and they found that women were usually into the heterosexual man scent and gay men were into other gay men scents no way so there was some there was some way that they could tell based on the scent that's whether crazy they were straight or gay according to the study i'd have to look into this but that's i mean if that's true that's very fascinating hell yeah it is that's how insane. you could determine that yeah and then it said there's a different study for the University of Chicago that showed men who use topical pheromones usually had a 52% improvement in starting conversations and an even better rate of improvement in staying engaged in conversations. I assume they mean with women. They also typically receive more compliments and experience noticeable flirting from female recipients and saw a 40% increase in women's sexual responsiveness. In the same study, <laughs> Christian Baller sent you this. Christian, yeah. are you using these pheromones? He's, he's rubbing the pheromones. Where do I get the? the where do I get these pheromones? It's Send like, me remember, a link. remember an Anchorman? He had like sex panther. Oh yeah, the the panther musk. <laughs> the panther musk. In the same study, women used topical pheromones, found themselves asked on dates more often, and saw an increase in foreplay during sexual activity. Approximately seventy four percent of women who participated in the study saw a huge increase in their interactions with men. While most reported having sex more often, receiving more intimacy, such as hugs and cuddling. I mean, I'd be interested to look in that study because what are these pheromones like? Because I'm wondering, like, does the pheromone maybe putting the pheromone on your body is like make changing your behavior, not anyone else's? It's just making you more confident. 
Yeah, or because like, is it a hormone? I mean, you're literally rubbing hormones on your body. Obviously, it's going to change your behavior. <laughs> so there's something interesting about yeah. that word hormone. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and so. Especially in this conversation, right? Well, and also, I feel like there's some definition. I mean, I'm not a big puns guy, but <laughs> right. Also, I feel like there's some definitional play going on here because how they're defining pheromone might not be the specific way in which biologists define pheromone. So, but anyway, it's all interesting. Uh, PC for $20. Thank you. PC says ignoring the ethics income-based policies can have a clear criteria like wages. How would a race-based policy work? Would everyone need to submit DNA evidence? How would this handle mixed race or immigrant applicants? It's a good point. You'd have to have, um, yeah, I don't know. You'd have to, it'd have to be outcome-based number one and then number two who's eligible you know would it just be like would there be a judge there like pornography they know when they see it they know a black person when they see them like <laughs> this person just looks at you and makes a determination about whether you're white or black this is all just post hoc rationalization for racist policies against whites that's exactly what's going on here yes <laughs> no um this is just coleman hughes you are up next what no disagreement. No, I disagree. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Uh, you are answering no to the question, does colorblindness perpetuate racism? Here's your chance to tell us why. Okay, I'd like to thank Ted and open to debate, uh, open to debate for setting this up and Jamel for participating. Uh, this is an issue that is near and dear to my heart, so it's a privilege to have the opportunity to speak about it. Our question today is, does colorblindness perpetuate racism? And my answer is an emphatic no. Colorblindness historically and today is actually the best way to fight racism. Colorblindness doesn't mean pretending not to see race, right? We all see race, of course, we can't help it. It means that once we've noticed race, we still commit to treating people without regard to it, both in our personal lives and in our public policy. Perfect. What a perfect definition. Look, he Wonderful. totally simplifies it. Great, wonderful. He's not. Thank why you. is he not talking about production, Sitch? I don't understand. <laughs> Colorblindness is the antidote to the poison of racism. Now, there's been a very dishonest but effective PR campaign against colorblindness for decades. It's been painted as somehow naive at best or actually racist at worst. But I'm here to say today that the principle of colorblindness, the same principle which uh, my opponent attacks today, is the one that our most celebrated civil rights luminaries wielded to great effect in the battle against white supremacy and segregation. The idea that colorblindness is racist is not just untrue, it's the opposite of the truth. The leader of the most important abolitionist organization, Wendell Phillips, said in 1865 that the end goal of the abolition movement was to create a government colorblind. The founder of the original March on Washington movement, A. Philip Randolph, had atop his list of demands the elimination of every law that made a racial distinction. Thurgood Marshall and the NAACP made Justice Harlan's phrase, our constitution is colorblind, their mantra, and quoted his Plessy dissent in nearly every anti-segregation court case they filed. The senators who sponsored the Civil Rights Act literally called it colorblind. Bayard Rustin wrote that race-based preferential policies had nothing to do with and were indeed antithetical to the civil rights movement. So you said that the reason for uh, 
like the anti-colorblindness is just to create you know policies and laws that are racist against white people yeah uh, and that's true but i want to add on to that there's another element here because he's because what coleman coleman's kind of going through how there's been this history of laws passed through colorblind and, and on colorblind logic that have you know made society better obviously and another reason that these guys are so against it is because they're marxist and they want to destroy liberalism and so they have to destroy the concept that liberalism which would be based philosophically from like the, the origin point on colorblindness they have to therefore show that colorblindness and liberalism are not effective at combating racism in order to bring marxism into play that's what they're doing right our philosophy is winning 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 yes marxism <laughs> has everybody never won. everybody all the marxists yep. all the neo-marxists all the reactionaries all the neo-reactionaries all the dark enlightenment types they're all just mad <laughs> they're all just sad that liberalism is taking over the world <laughs> it, it has been for hundreds of years and yeah. no signs of slowing down yeah yeah yep. cat capitalism and liberal democracies it's just like ah it's like a match made in heaven bloody adam bloody yeah. adam oh but oh don't give me your butt adams hey, bloody adam how can you say that when people have lost meaning in their lives and income inequality under neoliberal policies sucks obviously that means we need to abolish liberalism well i it, liberalism bakes in a kind of mechanism to regulate the market that's the the problem that i have is a lot of these solutions they don't really i mean abolish the market why can't we just work on regulating the market a little better as regulations are evil look incremental regulation of the market and i i mean i i say this often on the show because i want people to remember it market regulation and the welfare state was created to stop socialism right it is not socialism itself it's created because if you stratify society too much you'll get a bunch of people in the underclass that will scream behead the rich and we want a socialist state and that always ends in utter catastrophe if not genocide at the very least starvation mass right. starvation yeah so uh, like one of the one of the ways that america has combated this is a safety net social security <laughs> unemployment workers rights things like that yeah we're always trying to keep socialism at bay. And this is when, when we have an outspoken contingent online that are socialists, I always wonder, well, life has to suck for them. It has to seem somewhat unfair. You don't turn to socialism because you've got a, things lined up, right? Because you got a good job and things are going your way, right? You turn to socialism because things suck and, well, and life is unfair. I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, well, it has to for some Not people. with this guy. Obviously, this guy's you know got the i mean 
Like, it's interesting because it all is relative, isn't it? I would say that he's turning to socialism because life sucks for him because he sees himself as an elite, should be respected in his field, and everyone laughs at him because he's the Marxist. Right. So he's, turn, he's turning to Marxism for the same reason someone lower on the economic strata would turn to Marxism. Well, I was going to say, it seems like a lot of people who turn to Marxism, um, they actually grew up in a pretty middle or upper middle class situation where they were taken care of, and they essentially want that replicated for everyone. So well, they say, well, once, the government should take care of everyone the way my parents took care of me. Right, and once they hit the real world, they realize this sucks. That's not feasible. Yeah. yeah. They don't oh, right, enjoy right, right, their right. work or whatever it is. Sure. Yeah. There's, um, did you ever watch the first season of Mob Psycho? I didn't know. There's a great part that's, you, you should watch just the end because <laughs> it's so, it is like the perfect encapsulation of like uh, socialism and this kind of this thought that you're talking about. Because so if you haven't seen Mob Psycho, basically the, the main plot is there's a kid who's born, he has like super powerful psychic powers, um, but he's kind of like a complete social autistic weirdo. And he's kind of trying to figure out how to, like, he doesn't view his powers as making him special because they've never really helped him be happy. Mm-hmm. Even though all these people that are completely motivated by power seeking, like, are like, just, they, they want they his powers. Yeah, they want his power and they cannot fathom why he is unhappy right? with, with being so powerful. Um, it, and it's, it's the same person that did One Punch Man, so that's why it's kind of uh, similar thematically. And... There's a secret organization that's bent on dominating the world through psychic powers. In the last episode of the first season... This sounds great. Oh, no, it's really great. You love Why it. Why haven't I watched this? I don't know. It's hilarious, too. It's very funny. Um, in the in the f- end of the first season, like the, the main character and some other people are, are fighting against this organization that wants to take over the world of psychic powers. And the guy who's kind of like the local leader of them... And he always wears a mask. And at the very end, he takes his mask off and he's like this old man. And he gives his evil villain speech about why he's evil. And the whole speech is that because he was born with psychic powers, everyone in the world should just acknowledge how great he is. And no one does. And society never acknowledged how awesome he was. And it made him bitter and sad. And as he's saying this, because it's an anime, he's like transforming visually into a baby that's crying. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> about how society just wouldn't recognize his greatness and that's why he has to destroy everything and take it over that's and i just awesome. feel like that's so much of like kind of what you're hearkening to when you talk about like kind of the a lot of the socialist mindset of like you know basically they had parents that took care of them and told them they were awesome and special and they kind of go out in the world and it's like a big slap in the face it's on netflix that's great i'll watch it i'll definitely watch it yeah no it's great and it's it, the animation is beautiful so That's one of my major de- major critiques about the right. They always undermine, they always want to call our social safety net socialism, which really yeah. undermines the whole project. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> yes, it does. It gets us closer to socialism. Why? It's so. There is something very interesting about those those movies that the solution is always. You know, the monster gets stronger the more that you attack it, and people have to come to this realization that we need to stop attacking it. Oh, my God, if we nuked it, it would be... 
so much more powerful, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So much of politics is like that. That yeah, well, you can attack. Yeah, you have to attack it in very specific ways. Yeah, different ways. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. You're right. That reminds me. I'm not going to go on a whole thing. I could. I could relate that to Paranoia Agent, another great anime that's kind of about that concept. I've watched part of that one, but it's been so long since I watched it, I mm -hmm. barely remember it. Rather unenviable, rather unenviable position of having to argue that all of these civil rights activists were somehow perpetuating racism by promoting colorblindness. It's not just not true, it's the opposite of the truth. Our failure to enshrine colorblindness has led to a list of disastrous race-based policies. I could talk about the restaurant revitalization program, which you heard about at TED, where emergency funds for restaurants were handed out primarily based on race and gender identity. I could talk about Governor Kathy Hochul's recommendation to hand out limited COVID antivirals based in part on racial identity of the patient. Or we could talk about affirmative action. Now, my opponent's employer, the New York Times, ran an interesting podcast about it last week. They noted a college tutor in Queens uh, who had lots of Asian students as young as 16, 17 years old who were desperately scrubbing their applications of any sign that they might be Asian, erasing things like chess club and math club because they know the admissions officers on the other end would devalue their application if they were known to be Asian. That's that so just sick. Insane? Yeah, it's sick. It's so disgusting. Oh my God. It is. It's totally disgusting which is virtually identical to what Jewish kids had to do applying to college in the first half of the 20th century. Now, once again, my opponents in the unenviable position of arguing that it's not these policies that perpetuate racism, but it's somehow ending them, which is really racist. Again, I submit it's not just untrue, it's the opposite of the truth. If you want to fight racism, remove race from public policy. And if you want to fight injustice, do so based on class and by definition class policies will disproportionately benefit blacks and hispanics because they are disproportionately likely to be poor that was the position of the civil rights movement and that is my position today the ultimate pragmatist yay I know. yay I mean, Coleman, Coleman is definitely based we have to be careful because we say class too we should be saying socioeconomic so they can't do this Marxist magic to try to uh, the c call you a class reductionist. <laughs> no, to just be like, oh, well, you have to be, you know, you have to change the class subordination by the, uh, you know, the bourgeoisie. Oh, right. Like, shut up. Thank you, Coleman. Um, Jamel, so we're going to now move into the conversation section of the program. We'll be right back with that. This is great, too, from a debate perspective, because he ignored all of that marxist nonsense <laughs> well he probably just had an opening statement that he was reading so yes that too that'd be my guess but he had plenty of time left over well he i mean i think easily. he should have i i kind of disagree i think he should have pointed it out if he caught it he might not have caught it to point out you know my opponent is literally looking at this from a marxist frame without actually saying that's what he's doing so obviously he's going to be against the foundation of liberalism, which is colorblindness. Yeah. 
Welcome back to Open to Debate. I'm John Donvan, and we have uh, Jamel Bowie and Coleman Hughes debating this question. Does colorblindness perpetuate racism? And in the opening statements, we saw uh, fundamentally where they disagree. Uh, Jamel Bowie taking the the point of view that um, to embrace colorblindness is to turn a blind eye to reality, the reality that uh, racism exists and continues to exist. He makes the point that you can't address uh, you can't begin to address inequality if you don't want to name and acknowledge that inequality. He cites several examples in other contexts where it's been named and addressed, but he asks why on the question of racial inequality do we have to pretend uh, that it doesn't there? And he does feel that it amounts to a pretense. Um, Notice in the paraphrasing, nothing really specific about the Marxist stuff. He probably didn't even catch it. Yeah, this is. I'm pointing it out because yeah. you always say, and this guy probably is just an old school liberal. Yep. He's the one who is carrying water for these Marxists. Well, when I mean, I don't uh, know if he is specifically because, you know, I don't know anything about John's specific political views because he does a lot of the moderation for these conversations. But but he could theore theoretically because he doesn't understand what's being discussed. As most well, people he, don't. Why didn't so. he come out and say, listen, and he threw a bunch of Marxist stuff in there. To right, <laughs> yeah, because he didn't, he didn't, he missed it, right? So, well, even if you caught it, if you're the moderator in a debate, I don't know if you should be pointing out like he did a Marxism, like I don't know. He pointed, really he wrong. pointed out in other contexts like bourgeoisie versus the proletariat. The proletariat should uh, claim part of the means of production. Otherwise, you're never really going to end racism. And let's right. back to you. Right, right. Back to you, John. Right. Argues the, the opposite point of view. He says that uh, colorblindness is the antidote to racism. He would, as he said, enshrine enshrine colorblindness in our institutions and in our thoughts and ideas and in our documents, and that the failure to do so has actually exacerbated racism, leading to uh, race-conscious policies that he has described as disastrous. I want to go uh, take take this in in parts and pieces. I would like to ask each of you to actually. Uh, not just continually make your opening points, but to respond to some of what your opponents have been saying as I bring those up. Um, Jamel, I want to go to you first and um, ask you to address um, to address Coleman's recitation of the list of uh, of starting with abolitionists and others who have uh, pushed back against uh, uh, obvious manifestations of racism, and then through the leaders of the civil rights movement embracing colorblindness as he defines it and he went through quite a long list of that and i'd like you to address take on the historical aspect of the term uh colorblindness as uh, coleman has done and please respond to it perfect um i want to be begin this with so this is, is it kind of interesting and i kind of like the way that this is structured so the moderator is just is like actually saying they said x and i want you to address this like he's right. he's, he's asking very pointed questions which i think is is good and maybe we should going forward when we if we ever moderate conversations usually we're in the conversations right but if we ever moderate conversations maybe that's the role we should take because i think that's a little bit more interesting and it kind of can prevent some of the meandering that happens in these debates where people just say whatever they want for like 20 minutes well we should do it when we're in the conversations then they dodge our questions i mean i try to do it i mean i right. say you know that's not a response you're not answering the question a lot of people get a lot of people don't like it because I, I will interrupt when I feel like they're going on a tirade that's just completely off topic. Right, but it's just it's a psychologically like if you're in the debate and if we're in the debate and we say you're not answering the question, 
that's different it than the moderator who's yeah. neutral or supposed to be neutral is saying i want you to answer this specific question right well i'm going to be neutral moderator on tuesday so who are we talking to on tuesday pandering politics oh nice okay yeah exciting on the historical aspect of the term uh, colorblindness, as uh, Coleman has done, and please respond to it. Perfect. Um, I want to be begin this with a focus on Wendell Phillips, in particular, people aren't aware of Wendell Phillips. He's probably the, one of the most famous abolitionists of the antebellum period, sort of really a luminary, a Garrisonian, um, a colleague, contemporary of Garrison, President Douglas, et cetera, a really important guy. So it's, it's really significant that Coleman uh, points to Wendell Phillips as kind of the origin point for the term colorblindness. And in Coleman's gloss, he says that what Phillips meant was a government. You like that? You like that? Coleman's gloss. Ooh, it's a little shit right. right there. He glossed over it. All right. He yeah, Wendell, it. Wendell wasn't a Marxist. That did not recognize race in any manner, that took an entirely neutral approach to citizens. But that's, I, I don't think that's quite correct. So Wendell Phillips uses the term colorblind, or specifically the phrasing government colorblind, in two instances at the beginning of 1865, the first time he uses them. The first is at a speech at the 32nd meeting of the Massachusetts Anti Slavery Society on January 26th, and again a month later at the Brooklyn Academy of Music on February 23rd. Now, the first instance is interesting because it's a big debate between Phillips and Garrison and Douglas and other abolitionists over President Lincoln's initial reconstruction policies. Now, Lincoln's initial reconstruction policies centered on the quick readmission of Louisiana to the Union. Louisiana kind of captured very relatively early on in the war. And Lincoln's plan essentially is we have a percentage, about I think 10 or 15% of uh, Louisiana residents pledged to the Union, and then they can be readmitted on full privileges. And in the relevant portion of the speech, the portion that leads up to the use of the phrase government colorblind, Phillips excoriates this policy. And the reasoning he gives is that simply readmitting Louisiana without any attention to the relationships of subordination and domination between whites and blacks in the state would not address anything. It simply recapitulate the conditions of slavery. We'd be right back to where we started. Uh, it's in that context that he says a government colorblind, no distinction of race in the camp or of in the Senate. Uh, so colorblindness here in the context of the portion of the speech does not mean the non-recognition of race. It means the non-recognition of racism. That is the rejection of the legitimacy of any kind of hierarchy by the state. The state says there's no race hierarchies. No. Wait, this wait, is wait. such bullshit. Yeah. Such bullshit. So bullshit. So if the argument was, and I'm trying to find the speech that he's referring to to actually check this out. Um, I don't have it yet. But if, if these he, laws must not be racist, but you could acknowledge race. <laughs> right. Like if you have a state that was formerly a slave state and you admit it into the union without changing the laws obviously it's just going to recreate slavery because you haven't changed anything and he and so this guy's arguing and saying well there should not be this you know laws based on race which would then get rid of laws based on racial subjugation which right. would be a colorblind approach right 
So I don't. Well, so what is his his this? What his is his argument, argument? Is that they still acknowledge that race exists? Which it's like nobody ever said colorblind is not acknowledging. He's they're doing this complete straw man of colorblindness, yeah. as in you're supposed to never even be able to see race physically see race right it's like it's dumb it's totally dumb yeah it's just this ridiculous drama he's saying this colorblind law was designed to get rid of racism but you could still see race Mm -hmm. i win (laughs) did you know have you considered (laughs) it's like it's like uh it's like uh, Bowie here is in the well. He's the guy in the well. He's like, have you considered you can't be colorblind? Because people have eyes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they can see things. Have you considered that? Coleman Hughes totally anno- annihilates this guy. Yeah. It's great. No one is above or below. So, so Jamel, you, it sounds like you are saying that this tension uh, that we're discussing today is 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 120 years old. That this this disagreement about what we meant by colorblindness goes way back. Right. And I, and take I guess, that to I, Coleman to to respond I want, to. J- just real quick, I want to say sure. my immediate point is that the the way in which Coleman's using evoking Phillips just isn't correct. Phillips is essentially making a race conscious argument, but using a different kind of language. And we run into trouble okay. when we transpose today's meaning of a particular word onto the past. Well, you're the one that changed the meaning. Yeah. You're literally the one that changed the meaning. He's like, listen, I'm redefining this word in a different way. So how dare you use your original definition that matches up with this other person's original definition to make an argument? That is also my definition. That's also in billions of Americans' brains because they've been educated in in America over the last 40 years. Yes. Just, oh my. What is going on here? (laughs) They, They think that they can update society like an apple update it just goes out to everyone's brains and oh <laughs> update look oh yeah this is a new software yeah no respect for how culture works okay so so coleman um your an, an initial challenge is that it, from jamel uh and relating to phillips is that even then this this um disagreement over what the term meant existed and was relevant and had impact well, I'll quote. Uh, I'll I'll start simply by quoting um, Wendell Phillips, and I will let the audience decide what he means by this quote. When once the nation is absolutely irre- irrevocably pledged to the principle, sorry, this is the wrong quote. Sorry, no, start over. Start again. Yeah, sure. I I will start by quoting a, a relevant passage from Wendell Phillips, and you can decide what you think it means. Quote. God has chained this generation to the one great duty of eliminating from American politics the idea of race. Whenever an American magistrate is colorblind, unable to distinguish white from black, when that day comes, the duty of this generation is done and sealed and this epoch is closed. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds pretty definitive to me. No, but you don't understand. It means something different. <laughs> so pulling out the quote is kind of devastating. You always do yeah. that, Sitch. You always bring out the critical race theory quote. You're like, here, let's just look at a quote here. 
Because they try to be sneaky with this bullshit. They're like, did you mean that? And you're like, well, explain this quote. And then they're like, uh, well, you see, I can redefine all the words to mean something different. It's like, oh, okay, that's good. Let's just look at this quote from the Newland phone call here. Let's just read this real quick. Right. Right. (laughs) It's like always, it's just so devastating. It's so (laughs) devastating. So I, to to me, I, I suppose reasonable people might disagree about any number of historical figures and and what they believed, but it seemed very much that by colorblind he meant what I mean by it. And um, when he passed away, when Phillips passed away, America's first black judge, um, George uh, Lewis Ruffin, described him as one of the few white Americans wholly colorblind and free from race prejudice. Taken together, it seems that, you know, Wendell Phillips really meant colorblind when he said colorblind. Can I? Can I Destroyed. Yep. Destroyed. Can I, can, I, can I respond? Was Wendell Phillips a Marxist? <laughs> respond to that real quickly? Yes, yeah, sure. please do. Just, um, so, the thing to consider is that Phillips is not just speaking in the abstract here, right? He has a set of policies that he would like to see the government pursue. And again, we have to remember, we have to consider the context of the late 1860s. And so what Phillips wants is first and foremost, he wants black Americans to have the vote, which is considered at the time to not be a colorblind policy. It's very much considered to be a race conscious policy. And he describes it as such in this 18, in this January 26, 1865 speech. The second thing is he wants. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah. How are we look? How are you defining that to be not okay. to be race based policy? Well, they're they're doing okay. So he's doing this kind of like like BS thing where it's so if you have a society set up where you say only white people can vote and there's black people in the society as well. And you say, oh, well, we want to make it so that the law is colorblind, right? Right. So that everyone can vote. Then obviously, yes, the point of the law is so that black people can vote. Obviously. But that the point of the colorblindness, the point of the argument is to, is to show that the framing, the continual framing and arguing of things from that specific colorblind perspective is sufficient and valuable and will bring about the changes you want. So just saying, well, I mean, it was to help black people. No one's saying, but you, okay, you're the one making the argument that colorblind laws can't help black people. You're the one making that that straw man argument. No one is saying that colorblind laws will not help black people. Right. Why just, you're taking away the exclusivity of voting from whites. I mean, it's it's so simple to frame it as in the colorblind way yes it's not giving it's it's not giving the vote to blacks it's stopping denying them the vote <laughs> yes and and say theoretically like okay so let's say that it wasn't colorblind in reality originally okay so they say okay we're going to give black people the right to vote so then what happens with so then asians can't vote because it says white people and black people doesn't say anything about asians oh you got to pass a law just for asians no, you I know? think they just opened it up to anyone could vote. No, 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 no. I, I understand that in reality. I'm saying under his stupid framework of anti-colorblindness, okay, if they had actually passed a law that just specifically said black people can vote too, 
they would have to pass a law for every different ethnic group to vote. Yeah, it's ridiculous. That's not how it went. No. Didn't. I think blacks were going to get the vote before women. I think black people were going to get the vote before women were going to get the vote. And everyone was worried about how the optics of that. So they were like, they gave women suffrage before that became a reality. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. The redistribution land specifically to freed people, but also some free people. And so again, this is not a colorblind policy uh, as we understand it today. Okay. Bullshit. So, well, again, so he snuck that in as we understand today. So he's according to his kind of BS definition. Yeah, he's using his BS definition of colorblindness. Right. Because even in this, Clarence Thomas brought this up in his dissent, or his, not his dissent, his concurrence of the affirmative action ruling was that that policy, that law, the Freedmen's Bureau thing, there's a reason it was called the Freedmen's Bureau and not the Black People's Bureau. Because it was not about them being black, it was about them being former slaves. So even that, and the law was structured specifically for people that were slaves and were now free. So even that was a colorblind. Colorblind, wow, yes. interesting. Right, and it's it's weird because like essentially, so, um, so Bowie has constructed the straw man where he says colorblind laws can't help black people. Okay, which is a straw man. He's the one arguing that. So then whenever there's an example in the past of a colorblind law helping black people, he pretends that the law wasn't colorblind to conform with his original straw man position. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. To conform with his definition. Yes. So you were, we're left with kind of a bind, right? Like is Phillips just self-contradictory? Does he just, is he, is he, is he, is he contradicting himself or is he again not talking about the recognition of race as identity but the recognition of racism as a system of caste and subordination there was not really a language for race as identity back in the 19th century but there was a language of race uh, and racism as caste and subordination and the subsequent examples what is this? so he never he's never explained how he's differentiating this clearly you can have a system of subordination and caste that is based on your identity, which is what race was being used to do. Right. It could be a, an identity beyond race, I think is what you're saying. Well, no, I'm saying he keeps saying that there's a difference between defining race as a quote identity and defining race as a quote system of subordination and caste. And it's like, well, racism was a system of subordination or systemic racism based on identity based on the identity of race right yeah so he's making this distinction that doesn't that he's never really fleshed out or explained why he's making i mean i guess he's just making this distinction because he wants to adopt the marxist framing of systems as what matters and individuals don't matter but he hasn't really explained in this conversation why it's valid to make this distinction he's making all this is word game bullshit that's why I hate this stuff. It's yeah. completely brain dead, substance, substanceless nonsense. Right. Arguing about definitions and how things should be defined and all this yeah. garbage. Yeah. Look, Sitch and I want to argue substance. We don't want to argue this lame brain. Let's redefine this so that we can win an argument. Right. Well, that's what the annoying thing is that, that, if you were to tell him that, he'd say, well, no, no, no. You're the one that's redefining race and racism. 
I'm the one originally using the correct definition. And you're like, okay, buddy. <laughs> so it, it like forces you to have this stupid debate about definitions. I won't. I'll just say, look, I don't want to debate you. <laughs> okay. Go go write a thesaurus. Go write a dictionary somewhere. Get out, get out my go face. Go write a thesaurus, you. Get out my face. <laughs> Back home in his opening. This guy's like a college professor somewhere, huh? No, he's Polluting. a New York Times author or something. Oh, even worse. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. 19th century. <laughs> but there was a language of race... Uh, and racism as caste and subordination. And the subsequent examples that Coleman used in his opening of Harlan, of the civil rights movement, of A. Philip Randolph, who described himself even as a, a race man. So it seems like weird to say that he considered himself a race man, someone interested in the... the so the, the, I think the problem is like, if we were to talk to this guy and I were to ask him, you need to explain to me very clearly how, why and how you're defining race and racism in this very specific way. It would probably literally take him an hour or longer to explain this. And you say, well, if it takes you an hour to explain a concept that people intuitively understand instantly, obviously your explanation is stupid. Totally stupid. <laughs> and yeah. pointless. Because people, if there's something that's happening on an intuitive level, okay, that means that it's using your lizard brain, right? I know that's not the correct term, but that means it's using your elephant. It's using your, you know, these very base functions. Yeah, your unconscious yeah. motivations and right. intuitions. That is, that is able to look at a, something and create a thought about it instantaneously. Okay. So you don't need an hour long explanation to explain that process. And if it takes you an hour to explain this super complicated, what race and racism means and all this stuff, that means that you're just making up bullshit. Totally making up bullshit. I just, everything he's talking about, when he's saying that race in the past was a system of oppression, I think, yeah, it was. And guess what we developed as a concept to fight that system of oppression? Colorblindness. <laughs> Dumbass. So it's just, it's like, what, it, what is your proposal? If you're, if you're saying, look, colorblindness hasn't really worked because they're still racial inequality in society you're you're i guess what his his solution for what is going to work is racism <laughs> yeah so if you're going to go back to that old chestnut we have to be racist we have to be racist against whites in order for us to achieve racial equality then all of a sudden you have to throw away all the work you have done right yeah which is just weird well, weird and sad the, the benefit of colorblindness was that it wasn't something that was created out of the ether. It's based within the fundamental principles of liberalism, which our country was founded upon. So it's kind of like, like it was easy for people, even though they had to fight a bunch of races, it's easy for people to philosophically argue through all of American history for a colorblind approach, because by doing so automatically is the high ground maneuver. Because you're mm -hmm. like, well, this is the fundamental philosophy our fucking country is built upon, bitch. Of course, yeah. A col colorblind, you can't have a mixed race society like America has without the concept of colorblindness. I, I mean, I would argue the reason why we could have the levels of immigration that we have in America without doing tangible damage to the culture. I, I understand there are people on the right that will argue we are doing tangible damage to the culture. I'm not necessarily sure that's the case, 
because we have this concept of colorblindness. Right. That allows, allows cultures to come in and assimilate. Right. I do think eroding that assimilation process is a problem, but it generally comes from the left. Yeah. But so like, essentially what I'm trying to say is if, if you have a country that's founded on, cause a bunch of like people, um, make a very, very uninformed argument about this. And this came up with the Matt Walsh thing I saw on Twitter. And this came up with Charlie Kirk defending Matt Walsh. Right. I don't know. I don't know if Charlie Kirk is just an idiot or what's going on there. They're Um, not making colorblind statements. Yeah. About like, well, the founding fathers wanted this to be a white country for white people. What are you doing? Why are you talking about the foundational principle of liberalism? This is what the high ground maneuver is. And this is why this worked. The foundational principle of liberalism was that people need to be treated as individuals and that all individuals have some level of natural rights inferred to them by nature or by God. Right. Regardless and, of race. Right. Well, th- but that's the thing. If, if that's your presuppositional position is that people need to be treated as individuals that have individual rights that are natural rights that are granted upon them. Doesn't say white people. The philosophy is pretty strict. It's pretty clear what's going on there. And so, obviously, colorblindness is baked into the philosophy, even if people wanted to ignore it for a hundred years and pretend like it didn't exist. Right. This is so why a lot of the founding merge. fathers yeah. were completely aware of the contradiction. They were aware of the contradictions in the philosophy, and they went right. along with it because they understood the pragmatic reality of the financial institutions and and the fact that so many states were so reliant on slave labor and the fact that people were just racist wouldn't go along with with what actually would have philosophically made sense or would have been philosophically consistent i should say with liberalism yeah they relied on the fact that it would emerge eventually yeah because it is baked into the the ethos of liberalism or individualism maximizing individual rights Right. Someone brought up, I forget who it was, they brought up there's some version of, I forget, there was some uh, Jewish group that wanted to basically advocate for liberalism essentially within the in-group but that of Jews, but then to exclude everyone else. And essentially, I forget what, who brought up or what it was called. And my argument is that, well, then that's not really liberalism. That's just a lie. Okay. Right. Yeah. That happens a lot. Yeah. You, you can't just say, well, we like... Obviously, there's always going to be a difference, and there has to be a difference in terms of how in-groups versus out-groups are treated, um, you know, to the extent. Like, just because you're in favor of, of individual liberalism doesn't mean you have open borders or something to that, to that effect. Obviously, you still have borders. But what it means is that you have to just judge it based on individual merit of, of the person. You don't just say classes of people, groups of people just don't get to come because of their association with the group. Yeah. The, uh, I've, I just had this idea the you know the whiteness stuff that is always being perpetuated which oftentimes we call business culture but it's being defined as white people culture right is that idea culturally colorblind because i i don't think it is 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 the idea that calling it white colorblind or is the idea of the culture itself colorblind well, taking taking that business culture, mm-hmm. which I do think should be colorblind. I think any culture can adopt yes. that yes. culture, regardless of 
Right. I mean, Asians are basically dominating in this culture. Right? I don't know why they're calling it whiteness, right? Right, right. Yeah. I, yeah, the culture I, itself is is not is not uh, the culture itself is colorblind. Obviously, now there's going to be specific cultural elements that are different in America versus Japan or China or something. Um, but that's not a color thing. That's just a regional country thing. So it's like one an American the, business culture versus a Japanese business culture, which is going to have similarities, but it'll also have differences. One of the things they put on the list, I remember, is like punctuality. Right. Which I have a sordid history with, obviously, from the show. <laughs> but the just taking a attitude towards punctuality and saying that that belongs to a certain race. Like some races have punctuality and some that's races That's horrible, don't. yeah. Yeah, it's horrible, right? Yeah. Because that should be a race-neutral thing. I don't think yes. it's good to be pinning that on any one race. But that's kind of what whiteness tries to do. I just, I'm wondering, I feel like a lot of the problem is a lot of the, can we say that the black community has kind of not really adopted colorblindness? If, they're, if a substantial number of black people have this idea that you know, punctuality and, and business culture is white culture. Yeah. And that's what we were talking about with Nate is that if you have this idea among some people in the black community or any non-white community where to basically adhere to principles of the majority culture or to adhere to principles of business culture, mm -hmm. that to do such a thing would be to give up your, would be to be a race trader, would be to give up your blackness, to give up your minority-ness or whatever, right. and to become white or, or whatever, then yeah, obviously those people are not operating under a colorblind lens at all. So maybe the idea of colorblindness just offends a lot of black people or people in the black community. Oh yeah, it does. Because, well, here's the thing, from a right-wing perspective of how I define left versus right, um, you know, the ethno- uh, pho phobic versus the ethnophilic, right? Yeah. Colorblindness is going to be not exactly a good attribute to like people on the far right. <laughs> right. And people that, even people that have right wing moral intuitions normally, they might not be in favor of, of the colorblindness approach. They might have to learn culturally to, to associate that. Um, and the thing that's funny is that a lot of these, a lot of these people in the, in the black community who are like running around like they're leftists, I think they're not. I think they're actually very right wing on a if you were to give them a moral intuition test, I think <laughs> I, they'd be very right wing. I I accused FD Signifier of this and he completely he didn't like that. Based on be, the based on yeah. the schooling thing. Well he I is would, xenophilic. He is, xenoph yeah. he is xenophobic rather. He's xenophobic, yeah. Right. And yeah. I would be very curious if he would take that test and for other people to take that test to see what their moral foundations are. Because they are very much within the we need to build borders around our community we need to protect our community from outsiders there's some sort of outside force that's coming into our community and, and degenerating it from within you know they're hitting all sort of like the classic right-wing notes they're not yep. the ones saying we need to we need to flatten our border tear down our borders and kind of like assimilate into whatever the you know the majority culture is right but Though, they are can advocating get, for se uh segregation and right like Though, college dormitories and stuff Though, though I, have to, I should be careful in how I'm phrasing this because human psychology is very, very confusing. So, for example, you can have someone who has right-wing moral foundations and is black, and they won't become an ethno-nationalist, like a black nationalist, 
but would become the opposite. They can become, you know, a Clarence Thomas type, right? Or a, like a quote, or Larry Elder, you know, they could become a quote, black conservative. And it's because what basically what they're viewing is that psychologically, they're saying, I'm looking at people who are manifesting certain elements of the conservative mindset, and it's producing the XYZ results. And so they're kind of mapping that on, you know, white conservatives. Mm. Do you understand what I'm saying? No, not necessarily. Okay. Why why are they mapping it on the white? Because they're looking at they're looking at people that are manifesting conservative moral intuitions successfully. Right. Economically successfully. Right. Larry Elder and Clarence Thomas being the examples, who both, by the way, I've read both their books, were about introducing conservative principles to help the black community right yes yeah. exactly exactly so but it's being so. characterized as selling out being white that kind of thing right right which brings me back to my original premise but what 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 point did you want to make well no so what i'm saying is that i think this i think this this is kind of the complicated human psychology element you can have i think you can have someone who's black who has quote right-wing moral intuitions that could become a black nationalist right but you could also have uh, a, a black person who has moral or right-wing moral intuitions that just becomes a conservative and then would be deemed a race traitor or could be deemed a race traitor by black leftists because right. they're emulating, quote, white behavior. Right. That's why I bring up the concept of cultural colorblindness because yeah. I do think, and this is, I mean, this is something that the black community has to adopt. No one can force it on them. But if the black community is not going to adopt a color blind a color blindness outlook if they're going to look at whites as whatever they do is bad and we shouldn't we shouldn't emulate them they're right. they're technically avoiding a color blindness mindset <laughs> aren't they mm -hmm. I feel like they are so true um Let's see. Got some super chats or something? Jay for $20 says that pheromone study was 100% funded by Big Pheromone. Cool. Where do I get some? True. True. I'll take it. You want the big, you want the big pheromone? Sure. I'll try some pheromones. You love black people, Adam? Of course. Not the mean ones. Oh, okay. Some black people are super mean. Wow. That's racist. Don't you think? Can't believe you'd say that. I mean, some white people are super mean. Jeez. I like nice people. Hit it up. No way. Okay, don't, don't hit it I'm up. I'm thinking. No, I've got a big... I'm conjuring up some, uh, <laughs> some policy here. I'm trying to think of what to call it. Custodial voting, but so with race. Let me let me let me be clear because Majin is confused. I'm not saying. Okay, people don't understand. I guess here's the problem in our society: the term xenophobic is all it's ever talked about. You said ethnophobic, which I I don't think is a word. By right. The way. Right. Xenophobic is the word. Xenophilic is the word. Yeah. yeah. So. In our society, xenophobic is always talked about. Xenophilic is never discussed. Right. And xenophobic is only discussed in a negative context of 
of racism. And so I say, well, wait a minute, Sitch, how can you say that people on the right are xenophobic and people on the left are xenophilic? Are you saying only people on the right are racist? That's not true. There's lots of racist left-wing people out there. That's because xenophobic and xenophilic are both racist <laughs> to the to, to just in the other direction. Okay. So if you're xenophobic, you'll be racist to people who are against your uh who are who are don't look like you. That's xenophobic. Oh, I if if I'm white, I go, oh, I don't like anyone that's not white. I'm xenophobic, right? Right. But if I'm white and I think all white people are racist assholes, I'm racist and I'm xenophilic. Because what I'm saying is, oh, my... I like that, other cultures better. Right. Yeah. My culture, the people that look like me are the bad ones. They're the bad men's. Okay. Yeah. They're both yes. racist from... Like, you, you, you basically need in your society, as Dev would say, the golden mean. You need some level of xenoph xenophilia and some level of xenophobia. Because you, if you don't have any xenophobia, you just have open borders, you have no cultural protection... And you know what happens? You're just going to have basically another group of people come in who who will be protecting their culture, and they will right. essentially take over. And you, a will bunch of xenophobes, subsumed. are going to come in and right. take over. Exactly, exactly, right. But if you have no, so you do need a level of xenophobia. You need to have borders. You need to protect your culture. You have to say, listen, my culture is worth maintaining and protecting. I don't believe in this kind of multiculturalism, cultural relative, you know, gobbledygook. Yeah. You, you definitely want some level of xenophobia. And then you want, but you also want some level of xenophilia because if you have zero xenophilia, you're essentially saying, well, we're going to build a wall around our country and we'll never let anyone ever in ever. No right? new ideas, no new culture, yeah. no change. Right. Right. Which, I mean, that, you know, that's kind of like, that's kind of like what Japan's doing. And I mean, it's, you know, there, there's positive to that. It's obviously, it's going to protect their culture to an extent, like to a greater extent than other cultures but um it's going to have a lot of downstream ramifications like everyone in japan is depressed their demographics are spiraling into the toilet so right there's any remember that things. remember that questionnaire where the far left people said that they liked the universe better than their own family Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what's going on. That's here. exactly what's going the on. Xenophilia. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's like right. xenophilia gone wild. Another reason, here's the nuance. Another reason why this is complicated is because, you know, there was someone on Twitter that was shitting on Jonathan Haidt. Um, oh, I think I saw that. And, um, you know, and, and Jesse Signal kind of weighed in. And he wasn't shitting on Jonathan Haidt, but he agreed to some element. And I was, was kind of pushing back. Jesse Single minded. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I like Jesse, you know. And um, no, it, it is. It, I just tell you, single-minded, so you remember his last name is Single. Oh, did I say Signal? Yeah, that's he. Signal. Single. Signal is what you do when you like a girl. You smile. You signal across the room. Hey, right. single is what you are when you never signal across the room. Okay. Right. <laughs> it's Jesse Single. So, so Jesse Single, you're kind of talking about this, and I said part of the reason people are confused. And this, this actually came up in the Coleman Hughes had a, a conversation recently where two people were saying that there really aren't moral intuitions. Everything's just based on tribalism. And I completely disagree with that. The reason that people are confused by this is because you can have an issue that either the left or right will adopt. And because of tribalism, the other side will go against the issue. Right. 
the what they're missing is that the issue can be argued from you can have a situation where many issues can be argued from either a left or right-wing moral intuition framework of okay. course yeah abortion so, is a good example right so going to the black nationalism perspective and then i was kind of bringing this up with dev when i was talking about whether the nazis are right-wing or left-wing and how to how to conceptualize them how i think it makes sense to conceptualize them so if you have someone who's a black nationalist you and you ask me say why are you a black nationalist what is the core intuition what is the core moral intuition because to me that's what i'm trying to get at when i say something left or right what is the core moral intuition that's motivating a person to be a black nationalist and if the core moral intuition that's motivating them is a desire of equality and flattening hierarchies right that's They're a coming at it from a left-wing intuition right right that's the left-wing moral intuition you say that person is a leftist if you have a black nationalist who you say well why are you a black nationalist and they say i need to protect my specific group of people first my and culture foremost. yeah my culture defending my defending my tradition i need to defend my traditions right right that's that's the, very left wing <laughs> that's the right wing exactly that's very obviously the right wing moral intuition and so it creates a situation which is very bizarre where you can literally have two groups of people you can have, have two different people that are both black nationalists both allied in some way but have completely opposite moral intuitions about why they're aligned with this idea this is what happened to the early atheist community when they first formed online yeah they all came to atheism from very very different moral intuitions like you had the feminists who were like i hate men and women and religion is patriarchal right, right? And then you had a bunch of men who were like, I am rational and I don't like religion because it's not true. <laughs> right. And those two groups hate each other's guts. Yeah. As exactly. soon as they as soon as they sniffed it out that they were there because of different moral intuitions, they were like, wait a second. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Which is the same thing that's going on here. Yes. They're like, you're a black nationalist for that reason? <laughs> They're like, wait, yeah. And I mean we're a radical leftist. <laughs> I mean, you could already see this too, because obviously there are uh, black nationalist groups that are radical socialist groups that are obviously motivated by leftist intuition. And then you have like black nationalist groups like the Nation of Islam and other things that are obviously motivated by right-wing moral intuition. Yes, totally. And then once um, they realize they're all in the same club, they're like, I hate you. <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. This happens again and again. So this this goes back to answering the question about racism on the left right yeah well i'm just saying this is this is part of why because whenever i talk about the xenophilia versus xenophobia thing some people just i don't know they just think i'm only saying people on the right can be racist which i'm not, that's not what i'm saying right so yes it's a lot of racism on the left yes particularly right now that is fostered out of an intuition of wanting to flatten hierarchies Right. It's racism against white people, it's racism against Jews, it's racism against Asian people because they perceive those races as being economically well advanced. That's a great point. And maybe that's a better way to frame it versus xenophobia versus xenophilia is that the racism for the left and the right are motivated by different things. The left racism is motivated by the desire to flatten hierarchies and create equality in their mind, and the right-wing racism is motivated by protecting a tradition or a culture yep yeah 
So look, aren't you glad we made that so clear and we didn't have to add any nuance to needlessly complicate? Well, it. we did, but but that's probably a better way of framing it. No, I'm anti-nuance now. Just okay. so you know, the uh, the the fate of African Americans, but also a staunch colorblind figure. Um, uh, these figures are also talking about a context where race means in public policy, in, in judicial policy, it means a system of subordination. It means a system of domination. And so in that context, it doesn't have to. Right. I'm, I'm, it's so annoying, Sitch. It doesn't have to mean that. The whole point of colorblindness is to take away that meaning. <laughs> I just, I don't get it. Why does he keep defaulting to that? Mm -hmm. Colorblindness is the answer to that problem. What is his answer? Socialism. No, racism. <laughs> Socialism. Racism is the answer to that oh, problem. Okay. Colorblind. Look, he, he's basically saying that the oppressor-oppressed system is going to exist. The only way that we can do it is we flip it a little bit. We're like, now we'll be racist against whites for a little while. Then we'll flip it back. Like, I don't want to have a boom and bust cycle on racism. You don't. No, I just think we should. Colorblindness is the solution to that. Blindness takes on a very different hue, no pun intended. And the solutions that these folks come up with um, are not ones that pay zero attention to those relationships of subordination and domination. Okay, it's it's clear that the two of you disagree on the significant on, on how you interpret the his historical use of the term. But I want to move now on Coleman for you to address the thrust of what I believe is Jamel's opening argument that colorblindness also amounts to essentially being blind to reality. Turning a blind eye to reality was the phrase that he used, and that turning a blind eye to that reality means not deal, not setting yourself up to deal with that reality. So can you address that piece of his argument that you've, you've got to see it, you've got to name it to address it? This is a total straw man. You know, I, I think everyone would acknowledge that race is a social reality. There are also many other variables in life that are social realities like um, beauty, nepotism, height. Scientists will will find that people have an average tendency to treat people differently on along all kinds of dimensions. It's a separate question how one fights that. If you want to fight it by re-enshrining that same principle into policy and trying to reverse discriminate along those lines, well, that's fine. That may be your position, but you can't then say to people who disagree with you, well, you just aren't acknowledging that this is a social reality. If you want to discriminate along a particular dimension, you should simply own that position, but you shouldn't say of your opponents that you guys are saying this, this social reality uh, doesn't exist. These are two different positions. So Jamel Coleman takes issue with with your claim that it's a head in the sand attitude. Yeah, so I, I should say first that it's a bit of a category error to analogize race to beauty or height or eye color or you know there are plenty of things we can point to that have some sort of like differential impact on people's lives like qualities of that sort. It, it's funny he's complaining about the category error here when he's the one that compared race to class. <laughs> In a very category error type of way. Of course, yeah, that's part of the Mott and Bailey. 
But that's not what race and racism are. They aren't analogous to this, first of all, because they're not biologically real, right? Like skin color is, but the meaning we attach to it is socially constructed, a phrase I'm sure everyone's heard. That's that's retarded. Because like, obviously, when when, uh, Coleman was talking about, he was saying, you have something that's based off of a real biological factor, like height or eye color or hair color, and then you ascribe some kind of meaning on top of it. Right. Yeah. So just yeah. We don't just because you don't have a which first of all there are socially inscribed meanings to some of these things, right? Like oh, if you're blonde, you're stupid. Right. Or you know. I've heard that. Yeah. Or you know so you know something you know oh if you're short you're angry because you're short. Right. Yeah. You know, there, short there's all man's sorts of, complex. Yeah. Right. Napoleon complex. Yeah. There's all sorts of you know uh, things that are ascribed to things. Things eye color not so much in America, but. But the second states isn't marked by a system of hierarchy based off of hair color or based off of height. There was no kind of like Jim Crow for short people, right? Hold on. I, I, we need to go back and listen to what Coleman said, because this feels like a total fucking bullshit punt. It's that financial reality argument that you've, you've got to see it. You've got to name it to address it. This is a total straw man. You know, I, I think everyone would acknowledge that race is a social reality. There are also many other variables in life that are social realities like um, beauty, nepotism, height. Scientists will, will find that people have an average tendency to treat people differently on, along all kinds of dimensions. It's a separate question how one fights that. If you want to fight it by re-enshrining that same principle into policy and trying to reverse discriminate along those lines, well, that's fine. That may be your position, but you can't then say to people who disagree with you, well, you just aren't acknowledging that this is a social reality. If you want to discriminate along a particular dimension, you should simply own that position, but you shouldn't say of your opponents that you guys are saying this, this social reality uh, doesn't exist. These are two different positions. Okay, I'm glad we went back and watched this. So Coleman's argument here, very clear. All right. He says race is a social reality. There are other things that are social realities. And he gives he gives three examples beauty, nepotism, and height. Right. Okay. And he says people will treat you differently among these dimensions. If you're very attractive, People will generally confer better things upon you. If you're a family member, people will generally confer better things upon you or a friend. And, you know, if your height is obviously biased, you know, tall people, especially for women, you know, women are more attracted to tall people, you know, not short people, blah, 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 blah. Right. We all know this. Of and then, course. So, yeah. Right. So Coleman lays that out and then he says, okay, how do we fight these things? Assuming that you believe that we should be fighting these things. We shouldn't be living in a society based along these social realities of beauty, nepotism, and height. And he says... Height, blindness, policies. Right. Well, if it was... I mean, if there, if we lived in a society where, you know, height was maximally important, you would need to have some kind of height blind society, height blind law, right? Resources do accumulate to higher, to taller people. I mean, they that do, is a fact. Right? Yeah. Yes. Right. Um, so, but if it got to a point where it was just so apparent, you would need to create some kind of law to prevent that. We wouldn't need to, but people would advocate for it. And so, yeah, you can compete on other 
on other metrics, though, obviously. Sure. If you have a super genius that's short, you know, s s hiring them for a job that re requires, hiring the tall guy for the job that requires intelligence is not going to be good. But, so, well, I'm actually, I'm glad you brought that up. So let's say, yeah. you know, we have like tall people are, you know, acquiring too much resources in our society, not based on merit, but based on the fact that they're tall, because for some reason people find tall people appealing. That's tough because right. I did see a study where tall people do better in sales specifically. So it's hard to argue that there's not something merit based going on. Yeah, but that that that's perfectly aligns with what I just said. Because if yeah. you if humans psychologically for whatever reason like tall want people want to buy from a tall person, then what is yeah exactly that's what sales is. It's trying to psychologically convince someone or something. Right. right? Yeah. 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 No. So it's interesting. Right. So so this is and you could actually use height. This is actually a really good example to think about. So. If you wanted to sort of like, if, if that became an issue, if that became, you know, so substantial, this height prejudice, that was an issue, you'd say, okay, well, how do we fight against that? Right. And so you'd have the height blind person, Coleman saying, well, I think what we need to do is as a society and as a culture, we need to sort of figure out, we need to kind of like negate the preferential treatment in our minds and our culture of why we view being tall as a good thing. And why right. we being why we view being short is a bad thing. We need to kind of like teach ourselves out of that feeling. Okay, we need to destroy that idea, that cultural idea. And then you'd have uh, a buoy would say, no, we need to specifically create programs that lifts up short people. No pun intended. You know, so that to, you uh, create a bunch of animosity towards short people that like animosity right. already some kind of animosity already exists towards short people or some sort of systemic injustice why well, it's not really an injustice it's just like a feature of the natural world so there's something unlucky about being short and you're going to create a policy that actually creates a a system that makes people tangibly not like them for another a completely unrelated reason right so if you ever if you're working in an office and you see a short person in there you're going to think yeah, affirmative action hire. Affirmative right short, a short person, shorty. affirmative action. Yeah, yeah. look at that. Obviously, right. they can't do their job. They, got they can't hired reach for the, the keyboard, Adam. They got hired for the short quota. They have to sit on a phone book. This is not good. You I know, my like grandma, my, not my grandma, my great grandmother was so short, she actually had to sit on a phone book to like drive, I think. Right. Yeah, back in the day. <laughs> that's hilarious yes it was very they, short they couldn't make a seat that went up i suppose this is like the 1940s i don't know what year this is this is very old you know i don't know how cars were back then so i had a 64 plymouth valiant that had a bench seat so it really mm -hmm. i mean you could you would have to do the phone book thing right yeah maybe it was something i'm sure it was something like that but um oh no so then coleman's argument is okay and he's saying, okay, uh, uh, Bowie, if you want to argue that, you know, that we should have short people affirmative action, that's fine, but you need to argue that specifically and clearly right. and say that your position is that you want to take the element, height or race, and you want to solidify and re-enshrine that element in the law. Right. And you can't just... You can't just pretend that I'm making some sort of magical definitional categorical error and say, I don't really understand what's happening. I do understand what's happening. We just have a different opinion on how to solve the problem. Okay. Right. This is, 
this is what I hate because it is a dodge of the substance. And Coleman Hughes just completely yes. calls him out on it. He yes. says, listen, substantively, what you want to do is to codify into law racist policies. Right. Stand up and say it. Come on, just come out with it. You're right. a racist. Why are you tiptoeing around it? <laughs> this is this, this has to be maddening for them because this is basically what the Republicans were doing right back in the 1960s and 70s about affirmative action. Yes. They were saying true. all these policies are racist, you racist pieces of shit. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then say to people who disagree with you, well, you just aren't acknowledging that this is a social reality. If you want to discriminate along a particular dimension, you should simply own that position, but you shouldn't say of your opponents that you guys are saying this, this social reality uh, doesn't exist. These are two different positions. Okay. So I very clearly yeah, I love it. saying, love I understand it, your it, argument. It. You don't understand my argument. Stop telling me I'm not acknowledging the social reality. I am acknowledging it. You need to acknowledge what you're doing and just be yeah. and just own it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. You're trying to say that we don't see race. We see race. We're saying that we should, our policy should not take race into account. You want to take race into account. You need to own that position. Mm -hmm. I love it. Let's see. Will he acknowledge it, Sitch? Does he? Does he? Or does well, he? Well, we already to, saw. So. <laughs> does he try to wiggle out of it? Let's see. So Jamel Coleman takes issue with with your claim that it's a head in the sand attitude. Yeah, look at that, and he completely simplifies it to just head in the sand attitude. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So I, I should say first that it's a bit of a category error to analogize race to beauty or height or eye color or you know there are plenty of things we can point to that have some sort of like differential impact on people's lives, like qualities of that sort. But that's not what race and racism are. They aren't analogous to this, first of all, because they're not biologically real, right? Like skin color is, but the meaning we attach to it is socially constructed, a phrase I'm sure everyone's heard. So is he, so under this, so first of all, Jamel is, is not answering the question. This is all a massive dodge. He's going to do exactly the very thing that Coleman accused him of doing. Okay. He's going to say, you're not acknowledging the social reality. He's just going to argue about the definitions. Okay, he's going to dodge the concept yep. because he doesn't want to actually take the position publicly that he wants to take. You can't take that position. You're a racist if you take that position. He knows it because colorblindness yes. rules. Yes. And it's ridiculous that he's trying to, he's going to pretend that beauty doesn't have a social reality behind it. Or he even said it doesn't have a biological component, which I'm like, newsflash it does <laughs> yeah, you moron well yeah he's like skin color doesn't have a biological component beauty doesn't have a biological component and Height beauty doesn't, doesn't have, have a, a biological reality. component yeah, this is like insane this eye color so doesn't have a biological component what, right. what the hell take a biology <laughs> class sometime dude very dumb but the states isn't marked by a system of hierarchy based off of hair color or based off of height. There was no Well Yeah, see that's what I'm like, what are you talking about? You say that, but what are you talking about? I saw I there was a study <laughs> given to me by a salesman, mind you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Who who understood the height advantage he had in sales. Mm -hmm. This is one of the reasons why it was in sales. 
wasn't there this thing that's like it's the average height of presidents Isn't oh of course like, like way above the average this is a problem with desantis i think desantis is only 510 wow. as soon as he's on that debate stage he's gonna have to they're gonna have to give him the phone book and someone is gonna sneak the picture of desantis standing on the phone books and trump standing well i i will desantis and trump debate i'm not sure they will so that may well, never happen i mean trump's probably never gonna show up on stage so be interesting if trump if trump dips in the polls he'll have to debate so right. yeah but even then even if we throw out height because you know which is stupid because obviously height does affect these things not just jonathan height but height height um obviously there is there's beauty definitely has an impact on things it's just not codified into law specifically no. so you think that he would actually use this, you know, if he was smart, he could actually use this as a counter argument, say, well, listen, you know, we should proof, take these. <laughs> this is proof of systemic racism because you have these height and beauty standards that are obviously affecting people's behaviors. None of this is spelled out in law. And yet it's definitely conferring real advantages, real physical advantages to groups of people. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I think beauty probably in our current culture beauty has a much bigger influence in race like if you're a beautiful black person over being like an ugly white person you're gonna have yes massively more advantage yeah definitely yeah. definitely what she, he would be arguing the opposite he'd say just because you're white you have an advantage right no <laughs> come on now yeah that's ridiculous no kind of like jim crow for short people right there was a system of subordination and domination see this is so weird because this is completely against the critical race theory position that the the subjugation is there even though we have a liberal colorblind society because of the disparate outcomes i mean the disparate outcomes between short people and tall people is is well cataloged just right. because there's not some I mean, from this, from the critical race theory position, the system doesn't have to be codified into law, right? To yeah, still but, be delivering unequal outcomes, right? But it's funny that we could literally argue his position better. Yeah, <laughs> um, but th here's the difference: we actually listen to what Coleman said, and we're trying to address it. Of course, yeah. Okay, he's not addressing what coleman said it all. no he's dodging he's running he's in the other direction it. he's just saying what he's saying is i find fault with their imagery i don't like your analogs and your analogizing and your metaphorics i don't like any of these things they're not analogous to each other that's all he's saying he's not actually contending with the the concept of the argument he's just saying your analogies suck right beginning in slavery recapitulated and reinscribed after reconstruction continued through which by the way in coleman's analogies when he brought up race or i mean when he brought up beauty or height or nepotism that was just to those are just examples to show that there are Different things that are biological that, are not, yeah. that confer social reality to them that was irrelevant to his point his point his actual point was just that he understands the argument and that he doesn't want to re-enshrine uh, the value of race back into law in order to fight racism that was the the, the con that's the core of what his argument was right 
And he was saying he understands that race is a social reality. And instead of addressing that, um, Bowie is just kind of fixated on this. Let me just complain about your analogies, even though this doesn't address the actual argument whatsoever. Right. Coleman is arguing that there are obvious social realities that have, uh, even unrelated to race, that have tangible right. effects on people. Right. Yeah. But And he was just bringing those up to show, this is what gets, this gets annoying to me. He was bringing those up just to show and acknowledge that he understands what social reality is. Right. Yeah. That was the only reason he brought them up. Well, I think also it's important to note that people constantly overcome those social realities. Like that's what's great about our society is that nope. there's all these different right. ways to compete and overcome those social realities. Right. But people do this. This is like the, this is like the, um, do you, how would you feel if you haven't eaten breakfast yesterday? Question. Of course. Okay. Yeah. People do this thing that's really annoying where you will bring up an analogy for a very narrow specific reason. And if the analogy is not a perfect one-to-one -one comparison, they'll go, Wait! You can't use that analogy! It's not one-to-one -one because of all these unrelated things! You're like, that's all bullshit! I don't give a fuck! That has no reason to do with why I brought up the analogy. I was literally bringing up this one very specific thing that you're not addressing. Yep. Bro spread across the country that did structure people's outcomes based off of this thing that we call race and i want to i want to make really clear what we're talking about here the material elements of this what we're talking about is entrenched segregation it's exposure to concentrated poverty it's persistent exclusion from the labor market it's exposure to premature death it's the degradation of political equality in a system that hinges on it and so to tackle these things which come as a bundle right some some groups are affected by one or the other but racism bundles them up and attaches them to particular groups it seems to me to as to use your phrasing kind of head in the sand to then pretend like we're not seeing who exactly that right. it's responding to and I'll, just real quick i'll note as an example even with the Supreme Court's recent ruling with affirmative action, that same in the same term, the court said we can use that kind of history when making decisions about voting, about maps, right? The government is not actually blind to this stuff in some circumstances. So I'm asking, why does it need to be like, why do we need to be blind to this apparently in all circumstances? Coleman? So he didn't answer the question even slightly at, at all. He didn't answer it at all. It was a total dodge. 100% right. dodge. Right. Yeah. He's he's pushing him on look he's saying well, our head is not buried in the sand we know the social realities. This right. policy we think is the best to deal with those social realities. He said he responded saying blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And yep. To use your phrasing Coleman head in the sand even though it was a moderator that said head in the sand. Right. Why well, don't did Coleman say head in the sand? I don't think. No, I don't. I yeah. Jamel so, is right to point out that um, you know beauty and hair color are not analogous to race in in every sense. I, I wasn't saying that. I, I was just saying in the sense of his his previous argument. Um, but you know certainly the people the, the the civil rights luminaries of the past from Dr. King uh, on down. I have to be careful because I do that same thing. And I think it's a huge mistake. Yeah, you concede. Well, no, it's not a concession because it's like, well, yes, he's right that these are not analogous, but that's because you're an idiot. <laughs> you, you're using it a completely different way than I meant to use it. Okay. You didn't understand what I said. And 
like my thought process i'm trying to say well you're right in this because it's like i'm trying to get them to like not be so defensive but i think the way it reads it just reads to the audience that's not like super tracking the conversation as a concession yeah it like does. You just illustrated when it's not a concession at all i agree yeah so look let the audience you know if there's a concession to be made let the audience pick up on it themselves what i'm saying is what he just said was not a concession right at all but it reads as a concession to people you understand well it is a bit of a concession it's not a concession because he's saying you are correct that it's not analogous in every way but that's not what i said right i said it was in relation to your previous argument okay so it's not a concession but it reads like a concession it's because he's, you it's read a it concession, as a concession it's a concession that he got something right yes but even though what he got right was a straw man that he created out of the ether. Right. That's why you should just never say it. Right. So, you, But that's unfortunate because you're trying to say it to try to like get them to be less defensive. No. But it just reads wrong to everyone else. Uh, more and more, I'm just convinced you got to have better interlocutors. Like if you engage with an interlocutor that is going to just bad faith all over the place, it's right. not, look, you can't. You're not going to say, oh, you made a good point here, and they're going to all of a sudden think, oh, I should be good faith now. No, yes. they're going to yeah, be exactly. bad faith, right. bad yeah. faith, bad faith. True. You can say that kind of stuff with me or you know, with Dev or someone that you have some some faith that they're actually going to listen to what Definitely you're saying. Definitely not Doomer. Not, yeah. Doomer, I think you, he's, on the, <laughs> he's on the bubble. He's, he's on the cusp. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Dep if you're debating Barbie, no, bad faith all the way. But <laughs> if you're, well, I don't. It depends, obviously. So, uh, jokes aside, you understand what I'm saying. Yes, I understand exactly yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Bad. The bad faithers are going to bad faith. It's tune in Tuesday for a, a perfect example of this. Right, as you said, it's is the conversation going to be collaborative or confrontational? Right. There or actually, go. no, not confrontational. Is it collaborative or combative? There you go. Yes. Yeah. Tuesday is going to be combative. There will be yes. no collaboration whatsoever. Yes. No. Adam is going to kick back into moderator mode. <laughs> I'm going to like feed Look at up. It. I was like, I'm just going to go to sleep. <sighs> I'm going to the, enjoy the fireworks. I can already hear it now. Pandering politics. I want to bring a friend in. And I'm going to be like, dude, I'm not. Look, I just want to kick back. I'm not. You want to bring a friend? He's going to say, I want to bring a friend in because like, there's two of you and there's one of me. Oh. And I'm going to say, listen, I'm not, I'm just going to sit here. <laughs> like, I'm not, look, I'm shutting my brain off for two hours here. I'm not like, I'm not, I'm going to moderate, I'm going to lightly uh -huh. moderate, mm -hmm. mostly check my social media. <laughs> like, wow. Look at this. Look at this. Well, no, I just, it's not, it, look, I don't want it to be a 2v1. I got it. Well, it's I mean, listen, fair. we're very yeah. stupid. He's very mm -hmm. big brained. Okay. So we need to have the combined intelligence. Look, just... I got enough bad faith in the conversation that took place two weeks ago. Okay. Somebody told me too, he's the one that's engineering the Destiny subreddit like conversation about us that he's like the one driving. I mean, I don't know if he train. engineered it. He's definitely keeping, he was definitely helped stoke it continually. Right. Yeah. So oh. he's the one because it's helping him and his brand is done for fanning the flames reasons, of conspiracy yeah. theory. Right. Right. Yeah. Anyway, it should be fun. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. <laughs> yeah. So I look, Sitch, I don't. 
Oh, I'm looking forward to it too. Don't don't get me wrong. Looks Sitch is one of my super smart friends that I just like to <laughs> unleash on the world sometimes. I do I do enjoy that. I really do. Look, I told uh -huh. you. I I was a bit of an instigator back in junior high and I had a friend that was like obviously like 300 pounds and and over 6 feet tall at 13. <laughs> mhm. Mm could just destroy anyone and i like to have a big mouth and <laughs> adam, adam is like adam wants to be like he's like the short guy who's like hey fuck you you asshole hey you suck you're ugly i banged your mother last night and the person's like what the fuck and then he's like like some giant friend then, steps around the corner and he's then like, scott hey, hey have you met my, my friend, friend scott <laughs> hey you met my friend scott here he's like hey look we had a we had like, whoa a no trouble Look at you! Look at you! Jeez! I look. I don't deny it. That's a little bit of my personality trait. Yeah, it's fun. Sit. You need to be more confrontational. It's, sometimes. No, it's it's funny. Everybody like, uh, ever look. Chat completely yeah. agrees with me. Mm -hmm. They like it when Sitch dismantles people. That's fun for them. I understand. I'm trying to be a better person. That's the problem. Uh, sometimes okay. you have to turn off your morality. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Look, but um no, remember it's like, what did i teach you about marv from sin city what did i go. teach you yeah what did i teach you never feel bad about beating up uh never feel bad about taking out assassin a hitman yeah there yeah. you go true because no matter true. what you do you don't feel bad look some of these people are bad faith to the core of course yeah to the core you gotta try to engineer an internet uprising against you true what the fuck there's a would, would we ever do that? Would we ever do that? No. Yes. I can't even imagine. Of course not. I, can't even, I can't imagine. Not only would I never do that morally, I can't even imagine wanting the desiring to expend the energy required to do, to such do something an like that. Yeah. Like, oh my God, really? Right. It's so soy. Oh, it's so I soy. Wonder to, I wonder if after this, maybe on Tuesday, we'll talk about all the uh, Eric July veto drama. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's oh man! We tried to stop that. Though <laughs> it's funny, our videos are getting views now that it's stoked up to the next level. <laughs> oh, the conversation we have with Vito. Yeah, right. Yeah, because we yeah. were basically saying, "Why, why you got to do this?" Yeah, yep. yeah. But this is a whole new level of oh, drama, it's so. bizarre. Yeah, we'll cover yeah. that on Tuesday okay. too. All right, back to the debate. Are there any super chats? Uh, I can check. I feel like we've... Uh... Chaotic Intention for $20 says, I found it interesting from a BLM activist that aside MLK and Malcolm X, those who claim to, quote, fight racism are more often journalists inserting themselves to that similar level. I considered to sell books... Oh, to that level, considering to sell books and the recognition. True. I don't disagree with that. Everyone's trying to make money. Follow right. the money. Conflict um, entrepreneurs is what I often call them. Oh, that's a good one. Conflict entrepreneurs. Conflict entrepreneurs. Right. Uh, Mark Twain's Revenge for $50. Thanks so much, Mark Twain's Revenge. Says, off topic, a freaking bear just walked through my yard. We need to, <laughs> we need to build a wall here in, in Connecticut for bears. Adam, I'm going to send you a photo via Twitter DM. If the chat wants to know what a 150 to 200 pound black bear looks like. Y'all yeah, bring up the photos. I, I mean, I was wowed by them, definitely. Wow, yeah. You don't want that. It. You don't want that in your front yard. So. That sucks. 
We'll bring him up in a little bit. Um, wait, did I miss? Christian Baller say he sent a $20. I did miss it. I apologize. Christian Baller for $20. Thank you, Christian. How dare I? Um, I missed a couple $20. How did this happen? Christian Baller for $20 says, Going on vacation to Las Vegas with my girlfriend on Tuesday. What game should I blow my money on? So excited to see you guys get 50K. Adam, what do you think the negative outcome would be of having a civics test to vote? That inevitably the civics test would incl include something like how many genders are there? And it wouldn't be politically would neutral. Yeah, You would have to answer 72, otherwise you wouldn't get to vote. So you would have to yeah. sacrifice your own principles to be able to vote in elections and... I think that's abominable. Yep. Yeah. Would you trust, would anyone here trust schools <laughs> or yeah, institution exactly. to create a neutral, you know, civics test to vote? I wouldn't. They would ask you questions about systemic racism and white supremacy. And you would have to look, they have, they, now academia makes you fill out some sort of diversity and inclusion statement just to get a job. Right. <laughs> yeah. You, this whole idea that you will need a civics test to vote. You guys are barking up the wrong tree, man. Yeah. Well, also, wouldn't it, it would literally require a constitutional amendment, wouldn't it? Which that's not going to happen. So it's kind of a waste of time to right back to uh, postulate on it. But what game should a Christian play in Las Vegas? Craps, craps? of course. Yeah. yeah what the hell? Putting putting I don't know uh, the rules chips to craps. down. Putting chips down on the pass line is one of the best odds in the casino. Really? When you when you so you got to wait for the roller to change hands so it's on the first roll if you roll a seven on the first roll which is uh highly probable because of the combinations of seven that can be made you win immediately so if you put a whatever a five dollar chip a fifty dollar chip whatever you put down on the pass line if they roll a seven out of the gate you double your money so if they don't roll a seven out of the gate, they roll a six, you're going to wait. They have to roll another six in order for you to double your money. And that's when you play like the hard ways. Sometimes I play money on the hard ways is double is double threes. I think is a, is a six. There's like box cars is a eight, right? Or no, mm -hmm. that's 12, right? So playing the hard ways is always fun because it's, it's like a giant multiple. So you put yeah, a but five dollar chip rare. on it. That's very rare. That's why the multiple. No so way! Happens. It happens more than you think. So you put a five dollar chip on there, and they're like, "Oh, here's sixty dollars." Sure, sure. Every time it comes up, and then you get someone who keeps rolling hard ways, and you're like, "Oh my god, I'm getting rich here! It's the best feeling ever." I bet, but that's so. Basically, the way craps work is so you roll. If you roll seven, you instantly win. Mm -hmm. If you don't roll seven, you have to roll the same number again. Right. Yes. If you roll the same number again, do you win on the pass line? Yes, you do, and you keep okay. going. Yeah. But it, the only way you but end if you roll, if you roll a seven, a seven, you lose, right? You roll, yeah. Okay. You crap so, out, and it goes to the next roller. Right. So once you roll a six, then if you want to further your bet, you would bet on the specific type of six that they would roll. No. No, like you said, like you could roll for like if they roll two threes versus a four and a two. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Six, just whatever six. No, no, I thought you said, I thought that's what you were saying. 
Well, if if you roll a hard, the hard ways is two threes. Oh, you or so, okay, two so fours there's only or one, two sixes. Yeah. So you can't actually. Those are the no hard four, ways. There's yeah. no four two bet. It's only double bets. Like if you roll you, doubles, there's a specific spot on the table for hard ways. Yeah. Right. You've seen the movie Hard Eight. No. That's putting money on the hard eight. So you're gonna the, roll two fours. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's the hard eight. Yeah. Right. Can you can you bet against them? I assume. I don't think you can. I don't think you can bet bet against the hard ways. But there's all sorts of other things you can bet on. You can bet to roll a six. You can bet to roll a three. You can bet, like, there's all kinds of different ways you can bet on the table, which is funny because a lot of people spread their money around. Mm -hmm. The uh, But the funnest thing, and I, I guess Christian's going with his girlfriend, like, the funnest thing is rolling. Like, get in line to roll. Of course. Yeah. And take a turn rolling. Like it's a lot of people just they want to sit back and you know, they just wanna put their money on the table and let other people right. roll. They pass on rolling all the time. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's Vegas, baby. Roll those dice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So get your look, give your girlfriend the dice, you know? Tell her blow on them. Blow <laughs> on them for luck. Sometimes they get mad if you if like they see spit come out. They're yeah, because like, ah. it's not hygienic. You're, those no, dice they're are like, be ah, new dice. Especially new with dice. COVID. You, you have to like wear a mask and blow through the mask onto the dice, you know? Craps are amazing. Okay. we got to play craps sometime. Craps we can do that. Like I've never played, game. so I would be interested. It's um, so much fun. I've always been told that the best game for your odds and the easiest to kind of strategize is blackjack. Blackjack which makes is sense. good. So. They get super mad. We used to go with my buddies, and we would all play together. And they, right. if they find out, they get super mad and kick you out of the casino. You're not allowed to play as a group? No. Because obviously... So if like so three what, people walk up to a table, they're like, no, 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 all three of you can't play it together? Look, you can destroy the table that way because you... Yeah. So so the thing about blackjack is it, you can kind of sense, like if a bunch of 10 cards come up, it's mostly 10 cards and other cards. So if a bunch of 10 cards come up, you can think, okay, well, the next card's not likely to be a 10. But if you get like a 5 and a 3 and a 2, you're like, okay, well, the next one is definitely a 10. Mm-hmm. And if you need a 10, you need a lot of 10s. Like if you're sitting on 11 and you think a 10 is going to come up next, if the guy, if your partner there is keeping track of what's going on, the guy sitting ahead of you, he can either take that 10 or leave it for you. Knowing, oh, I see. So, at, like, right. So, if you're like, hmm, well, if he's got, because the thing in blackjack is, right, it's everyone versus the, t- the dealer. The right? dealer, exactly. Yeah. So, so you'll be sitting be, there yeah. and you'll be playing with a bunch of dumbasses who right. are like taking 15 cards and you're like, thanks for taking my 10, dipshit. Right. But yeah. if you're sitting next to your buddy and you're just kind of like, oh, I'm glad you held there. Yeah. Oh, so, even if, they a, even if they have a, a losing hand, right. if they look think at, a 10's coming up, they'll be like, oh, I'm, I'm right. going to hold. So you can pool your money and one person sitting there losing all night long, but your money's pooled. Like one person sitting there winning all night long. Yeah. Well, well, in blackjack, so, okay. If it's like, it's 3v1 the dealer. If the dealer busts, everyone wins automatically, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. That's another thing. If the dealer has a bad hand, you want to send them bad cards. Right. But but the individual people at the table, they could still lose anyway, right? Like... Sure, if the dealer gets 21 or whatever, yeah. So if one person gets 21 on the table, but everyone else has lower than the dealer, do the other people win, or only the person on 21 win? 
only the person with 21 a lot of oh times, i see so that's why like, it would if, not be if the de- it depends on the situation if the dealer busts you could have a three and win obviously no no i understand i'm saying so the dealer has 18 you know two if people you have, have 17 and you have 21 the people with 17 you don't win, win the 21 wins the 17 loses yeah. right okay so that's why it, so they the, would pay the 21 and gotcha. they would take the money from the 17. okay yeah. so that's why the casino doesn't want you to be as a team because it's like cheating essentially of course okay, it is gotcha. cheating yeah <laughs> yeah because you're it, pooling your money and you're trying it to, literally is cheating right. okay so you're yeah i got it i got it. i understand doesn't mean okay. look you go in separate cars <laughs> <laughs> so Separate cars, separate outfits. Look, you, know. it's, I, you it's, walk past each other and you give like the fucking Ocean's Eleven glance. You know, w- look, we've done this on the on the riverboats in New Orleans. Yeah. Like, it's fun. <laughs> Part of the fun is pretending like you don't know. Them. Yeah, you're doing like the spy game you're like, shit. You're like, you're like, oh, yeah, you're like striking up a conversation. Oh, you're from. Cal- oh, I'm from California. Have you? Has you ever actually like made a lot of money doing this? Or just the fun of like doing this? Like we've made some secret money. Agent yeah. thing. I mean, we've never made a lot of money because right. like we're poor for heaven's sakes. Like, sure. My buddy and I were both um, were both bartenders at the time, so right. we didn't have like a lot of money. The, oh, I money to spend. Yeah. Right. If we could, yeah. if we could have thrown like a hundred dollars a handout or five hundred dollars a hand sure we probably could have cleaned house but as it was you know we'd sit there for five hours and make like 200 bucks jeez yeah we were playing like five dollar hands no but i can't imagine playing blackjack for five hours but it's fun man the casino is fun okay i've never been a big gambler so that's because you didn't Look, as soon as I got hooked on craps, I was like, uh, oh, this game is amazing. <laughs> and oddly enough, I was moving to a place, New Orleans, where they ha- literally had casinos. Right. Yeah. Oddly enough. <laughs> Solidoge for $20 says, Adam, a trolley is hurtling down the track. It's oh, about no. To, it's oh, about no. to hit. It's about to hit Doomer. Oh, no. Doomer, but no. The, but, but, Adam, you can... F- uh, flip a switch okay. and the trolley will divert but it'll destroy all your work you've ever done on the comic what Doomer. do you do doomer i'm very sorry <laughs> <laughs> look this is, that's an impossible situation bye doomer <laughs> my god oh look i no comment i uh-huh. No, you, uh, you commented. Like, you said bye, Doomer. No, I can't uh, look. Doomer's doomed. I'm not taking a position on this. Uh-huh. You already took a position. It's too painful to imagine either decision. Look, I don't like hypotheticals. <laughs> this is why people don't like hypotheticals right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad right now I'm super glad that Doomer is not very popular with the chat because I can answer honestly. <laughs> Look at Doomer. Wow. <laughs> Later, chat. You guys have fun. Aw, Doomer, come on. Doomer look. can't say wow, okay? You know that's my thing, right? The thing, Wow. Look. That's a total sitch. Everyone's stealing my wow. It's Doomer easy. Doomer stole my cope spiral. He stole my wow. It's easy for me. It's easy for me to take this position. But it would just take one call from Doomer's mom, and I'd be like, fuck. 
fuck. <laughs> That's my son, my boy. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm like, jeez. Oh my god. Uh -huh. Why am I in this situation? This is all that super chatter. <laughs> yeah. What if Doomer's mom sounded exactly like Murderface? <laughs> that would make it worse. Then I would. Then I Why would not. Why you mean to my heel, Doomer? Then not only would I, not only would <laughs> I feel bad. Why about... do you mean to my heel, boy? I hear so much. <laughs> not only would I feel bad. I'd feel bad for the whole murder face emoji and everything. I'd feel more guilt. Ah. No. Ah. Uh, uh. Okay. There would have to be some live stream would have to be arranged where Doomer's mom came on and told everybody who's been waiting for the comic forever what mm -hmm. happened. No one's going to believe that story. My son had to die so that you could get the comic. Uh -huh. I, has Doomer backed the comic? I feel it would only be fair to refund Doomer. Before, <laughs> there you go. Before, before he's actually killed. Solidos. Doomer says, I am nothing but kind, and look at the thanks I get. There you go. Wow. Uh, Solidos says, also, Sitch, how do you try... Do you mean how or why? Why do you try to hide your mugshot? That's right, Solidos... Uh, he produced my mugshot. We'll bring it up at some point. Yeah. I don't know if you know this. I didn't even know Sodoj was an artist. I didn't even know this. I feel like he drew something in the past, and every time he draws something, I just forget that he can draw. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, PC, thanks so much, PC, for the 10 gifted memberships. Yeah, Thank welcome you. new members. Thanks, PC. That's awesome. Bruh. Love it. Love yeah. it when our, when our community grows. Christian Baller for five dollars says, uh, "The invitation is open, Adam. My girlfriend and I would love to take you out to dinner. I know it's not too far from LA. Well, there you go. If you want to go play craps with Christian Baller, I don't think there's a place here in Los Angeles. No, no. He's, if you want to go to Los Angeles with him, right? That sounds like a no. Yeah. <laughs> Adam is a he's a homebody. Okay. Right. Yeah. He just wants to draw." Not always a homebody, but I do need Wants to, to draw. look. I've wholly focused on finishing the comic. Let's talk after I finish okay. the comic. Uh -huh. so. We're hardly head in the sand about the history of racism, and they knew it on a visceral level uh, that even we today could not. And yet, their solution, solution may be too strong a word, but their proposal to address it was colorblind policy and class-based anti-poverty policy right that's a great answer you know we had literally the most racist shit ever that was so overt so apparent and that was the solution was colorblindness and you're saying that we live in this super secret world of you know people don't even know if the racism exists and you want to give up on colorblindness based on that no not good argument right yeah doctor's book why we can't wait he addresses this specific problem of preferential treatment or compensation for what would have been then called the negro and what he said his proposal and he knew that there was affirmative action going on in india he instead proposed something he called the bill of rights for the disadvantaged 
which would target the white and black poor alike. Now, the advantages of this are twofold. First is that class is a closer proxy to true disadvantage. So you are actually targeting more precisely the problem you're trying to address, which is intergenerational poverty, regardless of its skin color. And secondly, based <laughs> class-based policies tend to be more popular than race-based policies. I think precisely for that reason, because unless you're rich, <laughs> then it's not popular, right? Most people that have, um, had any kind of, you know, diverse life socioeconomically or racially, uh, at least many people, and I would share this instinct, have the instinct that the true disadvantage is class and poverty. That is really closer to what we mean when we're talking about privilege and disadvantage than skin color, especially nowadays. So certainly the people that would acknowledge all and lived through all the history that Jamel is talking about and fought it, they actually had my position. So, Jamil, I, I want to pick up from that very thought, uh, given that at the beginning, Coleman talked about, uh, again, s several people uh, who were involved in civil rights movements citing, using the word colorblindness, and I know we're having a disagreement about what they intended by that, but using the word colorblindness as a positive, as a value, as something to be worth aiming for. And I think that that, that understanding of it has, has broad popular appeal. But I want to ask you, is it your contention that those who are asserting and uh, asserting uh, colorblindness as a positive value are they cynically weaponizing the term, or are are they secret racists? <laughs> That's exactly what he's asking, right? Right. Here. Are they sincere, and perhaps, in your view, misguided? I think people are sincere. I would not accuse someone of cynically using a term uh, well, in the nice. absence of any evidence of, of cynical use of the term. I think they're very sincere. I, I, there, there's some, a sub, there are a few substantive points that Coleman made that I really think are worth addressing, and that is his continuous advocation of civil rights luminaries, and uh, Dr. King, Bayard Rustin, as hum, uh, somehow advocates for an entirely race-neutral set of policies. Now, we can say for certain that Rustin and King were wanted eventually a colorblind society, one in which race had no particular significance on people's lives. And I want that society as well. I think we can all agree on that or 99% of us. But when it comes- Well, not if you read CRT. I mean, you, you know, you were a Marxist earlier, so I don't know if I agree with this, <laughs> that you actually want this, but okay. To when it came to dealing with the situation of Black Americans in the 60s and the 50s and the 70s for Rustin and for others who survived that decade, I think I think it is a little disingenuous to suggest that they were absolutely opposed to race-conscious policies, right? King was a social Democrat, supported broad-based anti-poverty programs, but in interviews, in a number of speeches, not just in Why We Can't Wait, but in a number of speeches and books, he made clear so that he let, was- let, I, I want to stop you there, Jamil, because yeah. I want to go right to that point to Coleman, yeah. that that in fact, uh, Coleman Jamel is saying that Dr. King and others, while using the term colorblindness as an aspiration, potentially long-term aspiration, that they were not opposed to uh, to, to, to race-specific solutions and policies. And I'm sure that he can, uh, that Jamil can cite some examples, but it, it sort of is a challenge to your view, to, to your claim that they were 
I think you're making the case that they would not have wanted anything that would be race specific. He's saying that's not true. I'm not sure he can cite examples, actually, and I, I but I'm <laughs> sure that I can. So, for example, Bayard Rustin, who and Ghost wrote parts of uh, MLK's book, Why We Can't Wait and organized the famous March on Washington um, and was in MLK's inner circle. He said he wrote to The Wall Street Journal in 1974 when affirmative action was a controversy. He said, quote, the controversy over quotas and preferential treatment did not originate in the agenda of the civil rights movement. The leaders of the civil rights movement, King, Randolph, Wilkins and others were explicit in opposing reverse discrimination. They were opposed on philosophical grounds, but were also motivated by pragmatic political considerations. Wow. Now, I think it would be convenient for my opponent in this debate if there were analogously explicit quotes of someone like Dr. King or Rustin saying, actually, we're for this, like we're for race-based policy, but I'm not sure that they actually exist. That's pretty devastating, Sitch, Oof. don't you think? Oof! Smoke. Well, let's see. Let's see if there's a counter. Okay. Right. Look, if you're fighting racism, which I do think, obviously, racism in the 50s and 60s was far more prevalent, coming out and being a big, fat racist is probably <laughs> not the best strategy, right? Right. So it seems like they probably couldn't do that. Well, that's kind of the some of the CRT argument is that's why they say like MLK was like secretly mm -hmm. against colorblindness or secretly against um, you know secretly in favor of violence or something. Right. So, in 1987, a writer made the exact argument that Coleman is making now that Bayard Rustin was a firm opponent of anything that might smack of race preferences of anything of the of the of the of the sort. And the chairman, one of the chairman of the A. Philip Randolph Institute, wrote to the New York Times to contest this and say, in fact, that while, uh, while Rustin was president of the A. Philip Randolph Institute in the 1970s, his exact time period, he was also board chairman of the recruitment and training program designed to rectify underrepresentation of blacks and other minority groups in the construction and building trades. Before budget cuts during the Reagan era scheduled the program, it placed 18,000 qualified minority group members as apprentices in the building trades nationally. This clarifies, uh, and he goes on to clarify that Rustin was not opposed to race consciousness and public policy. He was opposed to quotas, which he viewed as undemocratic, but he was not opposed to race consciousness. And I would, I would ask Coleman not to equate the two things, right? You can be opposed to quotas, not opposed to race consciousness, because that can take very many different forms when it comes to making public policy. Do we think King and Rustin would be opposed to what is now a policy of targeting for integration, right? Segregated areas. That is race consciousness and public policy. That's addressing particular relationships of domination and subordination. It's not a quota though. So are, are we contending that King and Rustin and Randolph would be opposed to targeted integration efforts? I don't I don't think so. And so let's not let's not equate different a different different category. He's defining integration as race conscious. Giving yes. giving people equal access to certain goods and services is i mean i i struggle because of so much of this is the framing of it you can easily frame that as race neutral right if you're saying this university shouldn't be off limits to anyone 
that's a race neutral policy but he would turn around and frame it as letting blacks into this college is a class is a race conscious policy right yes she has the exact same policy but it's just the framing of it is different yeah but that's i mean that's why a lot of this is kind of like this dumb yeah that's game. i just look i just yeah. want what is your what is your position on the actual policies because right. if you're saying if you're against quotas look we got no beef here like why are we even having this debate <laughs> right? well i'm trying to find this article that he's talking about because um the the quotas article because i found the thing that he referenced which is literally just a letter to the editor just what a random person is saying <laughs> no way for yeah. real yes we um so i'm trying to but i'm trying to find the original article that the person was referencing well i wish you would just ask him straight out i don't remember if he does if he's in favor of quotas because quotas is where you the idea of quotas is you're going to give preferential it's exactly what was going on in the in the harvard case you're going to give preferential treatment to certain races and different treatment to other races which is not colorblind obviously you're treating people differently based on race that's the opposite of colorblindness some okay. people call that racism right so i couldn't find the article that was the original but i did find an article by the person themselves bayard rustin Okay. okay. They said it's a very long article, so I'm just going to go to like the quote part. While the United States has had no experience with the politics of redistribution, similar to that attempted in Britain, we have witnessed the effect of the kinds of policies that seek the exclusive advancement of social groups suffering from past or present discrimination. Uh, moreover, policies that moreover represent an attempt at redistribution through a form of social engineering. The most controversial of these policies is the imposition of racial quotas in the hiring programs of businesses, construction, trade unions, universities, and the like. For the individual who no longer believes economic growth to be an enlightened or feasible approach to the problem of income inequality, quota systems represent an obvious solution. And indeed, were a zero or slow growth economy to obtain, we would no doubt confront increasing demands for some form or another of quota hiring in order to ratio or in order to ration the piece of a shrinking pie on a more racially or sexual equal basis. This guy sounds like a right winger. <laughs> I know. This is the guy who ghost wrote for MLK, by the way. Uh, there are any number of reasons to impose the employment of the quota system, including the persuasive arguments that they simply don't work. A more fundamental objection, however, is that the quotas really solve nothing. Indeed, they create many more problems than they might be expected to resolve. If jobs are scarce, apportioning them to one group on the basis of racial or biological characteristics means denying employment to other individuals because of their race or biological characteristics. For some people, such a procedure is entirely acceptable since they are convinced that whites or males have not won their jobs out of the ability or intelligence, but because they are members of a quote privileged class wow this guy sounds base as fuck of course they are correct to point out that white men have had a disproportionate share of good jobs because 
of practices and prejudices that have long been rooted in our culture, but it is no solution to the article, even though it's the New York Times has a lot of like errors in it. So I don't know why. To substitute, oh, substitute. There's like missing letters. But it is no solution to substitute one form of discrimination for another. Two wrongs do not make a right, as the quota proponents seem to believe. So this is the guy who literally goes wrote for MLK saying, hey, Ibram X. Kendi, go fuck yourself. Yeah. That's pretty clear. Ibram X. Kendi always says the, the solution to past discrimination is future discrimination. Right. And this guy's saying, no, that's no. incorrect. Incorrect. Okay. Yeah, you got to destroy the system of racial preferences altogether. Now, what is a good way to do this? Is there anything you can think of that might fight against that system? Uh, obviously, we need to hyperfixate on race. No, it's oh, no? colorblindness. You oh, sorry, I got confused for a second. Okay, I really thought we had the hyper. I, for some reason, thought that hyperfixating on race would solve all of our problems. I don't know why I thought that. Okay, yeah. well, let me keep reading. <laughs> This guy sounds the base as hell. Uh, more to the point, what sort of society does the future promise? Should we surrender the single most effective means of dealing with problems of the slum proletariat? This underclass either has no relation to the productions of goods and services or is trapped in marginal dead-end occupations. We may, in fact, be witnessing the emergence of a class of economic untouchables. An entire generation of largely black youth who have been deprived of the opportunity to enter the workforce in a meaningful way, and who in despair may simply abandon hope of ever taking part in the economy. To some, the current attack on growth is simply the latest of intellectual fashions. I disagree. Far from being a passing fad, the willingness to abandon growth at once symbolizes and contributes to the weakening of liberal will and the liberal vision in the West. That's interesting. Above all else, liberals have fought for society that offered an ever-increasing possibility for the fulfillment of individual potential within the context of a just legal and economic order. Who is this right-winger? Who is this conservative, racist, right-wing person? This is the guy that he cited that was against colorblindness? This is Yes, this is the guy that Coleman referenced um, that Ghost wrote for MLK. And then he tried no. to, and then uh, Bowie cited someone who wrote a letter to the editor saying, no, 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 you misunderstood their own words. Right. Okay, this is their own word. The failure to achieve perfect justice. This is, oh my God, this guy's so based. This is why all these leftists who, who say, MLK was the radical Marxist, they're all full of shit. They're all just liars. Look, at this is, listen to this. The failure to achieve perfect justice and perfect opportunity should in no way obscure the very real progress that has been made towards these ideals. Nice. This is in 1976, by the way, that this guy wrote wow. this article. Okay. The failure to achieve perfect justice, or the one, not, not the least of these achievements, is a perpetuation of a democratic form of government that whatever its flaws has permitted ordinary people to have a voice in and sometimes to dominate the political system. It is furthermore a system that has reduced the influence of privilege without coercion or purges. What a liberal. 
Now we are told that the byword of the future is to be retrenchment, that we will have to make do with less, even though we are assured a future with less will be superior to the present. Better for whom? Not certainly for those who now have little. Not for the citizens of the third world nations who alternate between despondence and desperation. There is still a challenging agenda of worldwide economic advancement ahead, and it is an agenda on which the future of humankind rests, just as surely as our future depends on the protection of air and water. Wow, what a hit! This guy is ant- majorly anti-Marxist, too. Obviously. I know. He's- this sounds like free free market economics here. Totally. To those who insist that we can no longer tolerate economic... Oh, <laughs> this is hilarious. To those who insist that we can no longer tolerate economic growth, my response is simply that we can. Wow. He just took a big dump on, uh, on leftists, like the far left right there. Yeah, I don't... Their whole outlook on growth. Yeah. Super black-pilled. So basically, I don't don't understand. So what he said at the end there, which I'd be curious, I have to go back and read the whole article to see what the context of it is. So the article is called, is called no growth has to mean less is less. So it sounds like he's arguing against left-wing environmentalists who are saying we need to stop economic growth to protect the environment. I think that's the context of all this. Right. So this is the radical Marxist who goes wrote for MLK. The right now the left's housing policies and their environmental policies are in total conflict. Right. Yeah, huh? no, this is awesome. Okay. That was great. Thanks. You got that from the Cato Institute, right? I got this from the the liberal New York Times. The New York Times. By Bayard wow. Rustin. Nice. Based Bayard. We call him Based Bayard. I like that. Okay, started stories up. of policies under a single umbrella. Okay. Uh, the, the the documentary just briefly, record briefly disputes Coleman's claim here. Yeah, I, I do want to move on to one more topic, but Coleman, you please take a response to that. I just Rustin's position, which is uh, consistent with the I think later description by the leader of the A. Philip Randolph Association, was that there should be aggressive outreach to minority and black candidates, followed by a strict judging by the merit principle now if if that's your position that is a that that is far closer to the colorblind position in terms with respect to the merit principle than it is to the current status quo of race conscious policy i don't think yeah that's what i want to know what is your position on the policy right jamel that's the case at all. I don't think you can point to it. Quotas have been illegal in the United States for decades now. So you're making a distinction here that doesn't actually exist and sort of subsuming what is actually race conscious policy under this rubric of colorblindness, in which case, yeah, I guess we I guess we all agree. Hold on. He said quotas and preferential treatment in the quote that I said. I would just like to point that out. All right. I want to go to uh, um, look and he doesn't look. The moderator doesn't follow up on that. Follow up. I want to get to the bottom of this because this is where this is the problem is that there's all this hiding, all this hiding in the language. It's like, oh, well, they didn't mean this, or they didn't mean that. Every you know, all the what a surprise that all the people that were actually advocating for you know pretty moderate liberal principles that then became laws, they're actually secret Marxists. You just have to read the words in this very specific way to get to the bottom of it. Right. And listen, I'm actually av- not actually advocating for some radical position. I'm actually advocating for something that's very 
completely acceptable to everyone. That's why I have to pretend and hide all my language in this very complicated package. Right. To hide what you're really advocating for. Right. But did Jamel, did Jamel say that he agrees he's against quotas in this? That's mailing? what he said. Right. Yeah. But he's not really reluctantly. Is- he says, I guess we all agree that quotas suck. Right. So, but what exactly? Well, well, to be well, what is ra- he, what does race consciousness policies mean if it's not quotas? That's why he. So, okay, he didn't really say he was against quotas. He said quotas were illegal. Right. So it doesn't mean he agrees with it. Let's listen again. I'm back it up five seconds. Okay, go back. Sort of blindness. In which case, yeah, I guess we. I guess you're making a distinction here that doesn't actually exist, and sort of subsuming what is actually race-conscious policy about. under this rubric of colorblindness. In which case, yeah, I guess we. I guess we all agree. Hold on. He said quotas and preferential treatment in the quote that I said. I would just like to point that out. All right. I want to go to um, the the most recent uh, very very public uh, publication and discussion uh, of the issue of colorblindness, which of course goes to the Supreme Court's decision to strike down uh, affirmative action in college admissions. And Justice Thomas wrote a 53-page concurring opinion in which he uh, asserted uh, several times that the Constitution itself is colorblind. He also took issue with some of the liberal justices who, who Jamel were essentially arguing your position that uh, colorblindness would be, was to um, to to make oneself blind to to reality, and Justice Thomas responded to one of Justice Jackson's uh, arguments uh, in quite quite sharp language. He wrote this: "Individuals are the sum of their unique experiences, challenges, and accomplishments. What matters is not the barriers they face, but how they choose to confront them. And their race is not to blame for everything, good or bad, that happens in their lives." A contrary, myopic worldview based on individual skin color to the total exclusion of their personal choices is nothing short of racial determinism. That's Justice Thomas responding to a point made by Justice Jackson. I want to ask you about this sort of, he, he sort of says it's either or, either we're in a colorblind world or we're in a world where the argument is based on a what he calls a myopic worldview that individual skin color is the thing that ex- determines everything in their life. Is that a fair dichotomy that he's presenting? And if not, where's the nuance? Look at this guy. He's just got a huge heart on for nuance. I don't think it's a fair dichotomy. I think it's very much a straw man, in part because no one, no one in our conversation or in the conversation among the justices is making the claim that race is the single most determinative thing. Everyone acknowledges, even 150 years ago, right, that exceptional individuals can make their way, that even talented and not quite exceptional individuals can make their way and find success. The, the- so, okay, th- this is kind of a, a dishonest framing, again, of the, of the situation. So he said, no one is saying that race is the single most factor. factor. And I thought he was going to bring up, like, rich like being rich but he didn't he said you know you can be some kind of superstar individually and still succeed because you're just so awesome um but it's like well wait a minute we were talking about like specific factors that apply to to groups of people right so like race gender um class things of that nature you can't then insert into the conversation some individual factor like you just happen to be based and awesome 
So no matter what happens, you can't be held down. Because that's, well, it's like, sure, I guess, but that doesn't really, you can't really like analyze something from a group perspective, like you were trying to do, and then say, well, there's always going to be superstars, because that's irrelevant right. to the conversation. Because from a group perspective, the current crop of, of leftists do say that race is the most important factor. They do say, well, even if you're rich and black, you still have less privilege in society than a poor white person. I mean- there was like literally in a video there was that that kid who was it was kind of disgusting there was that kid who was leading the mizzou protests in college who was the son of some like i don't know i think like the second largest you know owner of trains in the eastern coast of america right so some multi multi millionaire if not billionaire train magnet guy and this kid is argue, sitting there arguing that I'm sorry, I'm thinking I'm confusing with someone else. There was a there was a different kid who was some he made a bunch of money on YouTube and he was talking about buying a house for his mother. Okay, oh, he was rich that. enough that he could just yeah. buy a house for his mother. Um and he was talking about how well even the fact that he's rich enough to just, you know, he's a mul- he's a millionaire and he could just buy a house for his mom, he still had less privilege than a poor white person because he was black. And right. people were just like, that's really fucking disgusting <laughs> that you're making this argument. Right. Because he got some sort of microaggressions from the real estate agents. Yes, that's right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. The real estate agents that a poor person would never even be able to talk to. Yes. And I, and if I recall correctly, it was because he wanted to pay... Cash. Like cash or upfront right. or something, which is just a weird... Like normally when you're buying a house... That's not the way in which anyone buys a house generally. No, this is this is untrue. This is actually the cash buyers are at a at a severe advantage over mm-hmm. other people that have to get a mortgage because it can close a lot faster when you're dealing a cash deal. Yeah, yeah but I'm saying, does the average person who's buying a house they don't show up with a a suitcase full of cash? The cash buyers have an advantage. You're not answering faster. my question, right? But in certain yep. markets, yes, the cash okay. buyers far outnumber the people that go to get a mortgage, which are I would classify as the normal people, right? Right. I w- I would suspect, and in, in I would suspect that the that if you're going to say the markets where there's a bunch of people running around with cash to just buy houses, are the people that are flipping the houses or are. Are buying them for some kind of B and B. They're not actually living in the houses. They are, yeah. They're okay. buying them as investment properties, right? Yeah, because they—they—that's why they have some a massive amount of cash to just throw at a, a real estate agent, right? And okay. they have an advantage because the right. real estate agents want to deal with them because they're easier. Sure. They don't like you could get in the middle of closing and the bank deny the loan right. for the person that wants to buy the house. Cash, you don't have to worry about that. You take several variables out of the equation when you yeah. are dealing with a cash offer. Well, it's Cash funny too, is like, king, yeah. Right, it's funny too because this this the kid that was complaining about this, he was like, he looked like he was, I don't know, 21, 22. I don't know how old yeah. he was. So you have a kid who's like twenty one, looks like he's in his twenties, has face piercings, <laughs> okay, and he's like, let me just buy this house with cash. Of course, real estate is gonna be like, wait, what? <laughs> like, well, this I don't, but no, it's because he's black. Like, if he was white, they'd still be like, mm, I don't know about this. They'd be like, oh, really? Okay. I don't remember this. So I could be wrong because my memory could have faded. This was a while ago. But if he tried to spend paying with cash as a disadvantage, that would offend me 
to no end. No, no, no. He was trying to spin that, like the fact that the real estate agent had some uh, suspicion of him was of where the cash came from. Okay. No, it wasn't really where the cat this cash came from. It was suspicion that oh, this like young kid with face piercings is just going to have enough cash on hand to outright buy a house. Right. Yeah. Right. Which I'm like, well, it's because okay, there's a lot of reasons. It's not because you're black. Like that's you know. To the bottom of the list there. If some white kid your same age with face piercing showed up and said, let me just buy this house with cash, I think most real estate agents would be like skeptical. Right. In LA, if you don't have a bunch of tattoos and face piercings, they're like, where are you going to get the money to pay for this house? You're obviously well, not a rock star. Well, there you go. And yeah, exactly. In LA, it might be a little different. So, anyway. The... the, the, the dispute i suppose is what do we do about group inequality and this gets back to my my opening statement here that we can perceive not just individual differences in talent uh and in will and these sorts of things but like group inequalities that are tied to a very well established historical record and wait no one is denying no one is saying that you can't have any group focus or group inequalities that's literally why the suggestion is that the that the focus be on class socioeconomic status and not race that's a group you're saying poor people as a group should have certain economic uh you know assistance from the government from society that's a group level thinking and strategy and, and plan the dispute is always over the amount of effort People want to believe that people get the amount that they deserve for the amount of effort that they put in. But a lot of people on the left feel like you can put an inordinate amount of effort in and get and nothing out of yeah, it because right. of racism. <laughs> or some other problem. Yeah. Society right. of yeah. fairness in the world. Which I mean is true, obviously, that can happen. Sure, it it definitely can happen. Right. But if you're living under the the delusion that it's 100% certain that that's going to happen and therefore you put zero effort in, then obviously the situation is completely different because you've put, you've expended no effort. Right. I think when you're talking to someone like this and they're hiding their power level, they're trying to be weaselly with the language, maybe a good area to pin them down on would be to try to say, get a definitive answer is, wait a minute, why can we not just have policies based on socioeconomic status, which would disproportionately help black people anyway? Why does it have to be based on race specifically? Because then there, like, there's really only two, one of two answers, which is that, well, you give the privilege answer and you give the answer, well, black people just, I guess, deserve it more because of racism <laughs> specifically, or you give the CRT answer, which is, well, if you do that, essentially white people will still figure out a way to screw over black people. <laughs> You're right. But it'd be good to know which one they're operating under. Right. I'm a, so I'm a, so that would be curious as to where Bowie is. What is he operating under? But you kind of have to force to get the answer to that question. And so we have, I think with Thomas, Justice Thomas and his colleagues, Justice Jackson in particular, what, what they have is a fundamental disagreement. I think Thomas would say and has said that more or less as long as exceptional individuals can get out of, can surpass 
uh, group inequalities in their legacy that we don't have to worry too much about group inequalities. And I think Justice Jackson, who is very much an egalitarian, is saying that no, that we need to deal with group inequalities and race, racism. These are this is a particular vector of inequality that we can't simply ignore. Hold and on, that's let, me, let me go back for one second. And and his colleagues, Justice Jackson in particular. What, what they have is a fundamental disagreement. I think Thomas would say and has said that more or less as long as exceptional individuals can get out of, can surpass uh, group inequalities in their legacy, that we don't have to worry too much about group inequalities. And I think Justice... Is that his argument? That was not his argument. Well, I mean, you read it. I, don't, I never read it. Yeah, but so. even in his book, that wasn't his view. Didn't you read his book? Yeah. Was his view that like as long as exceptional individuals continue no, to... No, of course not. Yeah. His view was people weren't trying hard enough. Right. And he thinks that essentially he buys into the conservative idea that, you know, the handouts will make people dependent, right? I don't, I don't know if it's the handouts. It's just there, there were a bunch of institutions that were closed off to blacks. And he wanted blacks to take advantage of the opportunities. Not no, 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 I'm in, saying, I'm asking, in his book, does he lay out the, the kind of more standard conservative idea that by all these government assistance programs, you know, it's like the Larry Elder no, notion. No, there's none of that. Oh, okay, there's, so that doesn't none exist of that, in his book. Okay. No, there's none of that. Right. Everyone is lazy. No, none of that. Interesting. There is, there is a... Like he he acknowledges that there that racism exists and that of course black people need to work hard, right? Right. Does he? But he doesn't. Why does does he give a prescription or an idea why he thinks there still is a disparity in the two communities? Not really in the book. I mean, okay. he doesn't really focus on that kind of stuff. Right. He does. Okay. Look, he focuses on his own personal experience and how right. he felt he there there were colleges that were off limits to blacks. I guess he was kind of in the first round of of blacks going to colleges that were traditionally all white colleges, okay? So he got into those colleges based on merit obviously he's like my grades are the same as the white students <laughs> so the idea that affirmative action came along and made it appear that he got in based on some sort of quota and not merit obviously he felt hurt him in his career right so he was against these affirmative action policies because he felt they would tangibly hurt the black community he thought the black community should be focused on merit right and getting into these these institutions based on their merit, so not his on argument, some sort of quota system. Right? right. So his argument was, and he kind of makes his argument in his opinion as well. Of course he does. Yeah. It, it totally it, mirrors the book. Right. His argument is unlike Bowie, he, he was not making Bowie's ridiculous drama. He wasn't saying racial inequality doesn't matter because exceptional individuals can still break out and, and succeed. No, he said racial he inequality saying. does matter and the black community should compete the same way the Asian community right. competes, the same he, way right. the and immigrant was, community competes. Right, and he was saying that from his perception, the affirmative action policies 
would actually hurt the black community because then it would give an excuse to people to say, hey, you know, Clarence Thomas only got into Yale or Harvard or wherever he went to because he's black, not because he deserves to be there. Yeah. Policy, the policies were lowered for black admissions. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So that, that's why he was, he wanted to take the $10, 10 cent sticker from the cigarettes and put it on his diploma because he was saying, because he got in, or because the perception is that he got in under affirmative action, no one valued his Ivy League diploma. Yeah. And right. when they offered him the position as a race based, you know, thing. Yeah. Well, to, I can't remember the, the government. It was something about helping black people specifically. Right. It wasn't helping, just like a, like a random like, position. Yeah. Helping black people get jobs or whatever. Yeah, Some something, sort of yeah. like. Right. He didn't want that job because he felt he. That, that job was. He felt he was a token, basically. Right. He was getting that job because he was black, not because his, he had any interest in it or any that he was good at he had an experience with it right so but yeah i don't okay the i the thing that i think is going on just from like a reality perspective is the thing we talked about before on the other live stream about culturally i just think a lot of a lot of the black community feels being entrepreneurial in spirit or being business-minded a lot of those things are just, or being academically minded, a lot of those things are categorized as being white. Or, yeah, are not, they're not potential avenues for success. Yeah. Well, they are potential avenues for success, but they're potential avenues for success that admit cultural defeat in some way. This is just, well, I, th the way I think it's they, either or. There's an idea that it can, some people it's an idea of cultural defeat, some people it's an idea that's just not feasible. And that's why when, you know, Nate was saying that like when he graduated from law school, there were people in his neighborhood that were like, wanted him to become the person to emulate, to, to show that you can succeed in the system. You can go to school and get a, a degree and that's, you know, worthwhile. Right. So. But my thinking is that to some extent the black community is going to have to adopt the concept of colorblindness, this cultural colorblindness. Of course, obviously. Yeah. Obviously. For any of this to be for any of this to work. Yes. So the idea of, of getting rid of colorblindness. No, colorblindness has not gone far enough. The black community has not adopted colorblindness. Well, that would be to me a far more interesting idea. A far more interesting conversation to have with Bowie or someone else than this stupid colorblindness in the law argument that that always gets hidden into what exactly it means would to be this cultural colorblind argument because it's kind of harder to to hide exactly what your belief is if you're having that conversation. Well, if you want to make the argument to me that blacks have no interest in succeeding because it's becoming a race traitor. Look, I understand that. That's like horrible. Right, right. That's a horrible situation to be in. But somehow that, to me, that is the, the cultural pattern that is being reinstantiated again and again and again. That's the cultural pattern that you got to break. Maybe we'll ask, uh, I'll add that to the list of things we can ask, uh, pandering. Cultural colorblind.
he do, he doesn't know anything about this shit. <laughs> it, it was an interesting conversation that we had with Nate about this stuff because yeah, obviously he has experience. I mean, uh, it sounded like he grew up in Harlem, which is mm-hmm. yeah, New York City. Bill Jackson, who is very much an egalitarian, is saying that no, that we need to deal with group inequalities and race racism these are this is a particular vector of inequality that we can't simply ignore and that's my position that whatever your views of racial identity or what have you the fact remains that this is a major vector under which over which inequality happens and it seems foolhardy to ignore it or conflate it with other forms of inequality that's a point coleman made earlier that we haven't addressed yet but that race inequality is different than class inequality because the former implicates one's personhood in a way that class inequality doesn't necessarily and that's that's a, i think a key distinction why does that matter what do you say and it seems full whatever your views of racial identity or what have you the fact remains that this is a major vector under which over which inequality happens and it seems foolhardy to ignore it or conflate it with other forms of inequality that's a point coleman made earlier that we haven't addressed yet but that race inequality is different than class inequality because the former implicates one's personhood in a way that class inequality doesn't necessarily and that's that's i think a key distinction worth making totally 100 percent disagree yeah first of all it's not even true (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so many people who are who are poor, it's just assumed that they're lazy. Especially yes. in our society, yeah. Right. Lazy or dirty or some kind of defect. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Stupid. Yeah. Completely. So that's first of all. Put it's on not them even true. personally. Yeah. Right. Not even true. Okay, number one. But number two, even if it was true, and I granted this, so what? How does that change anything about how you would like that's not an answer as to why you would have policies based on class instead of race, just because there's not a complete one-to-one analogy to how society viewed class and race. How does that doesn't answer the question? It's just so so much of this boils down to whether or not the population is being held back tangibly by some external force or whether or not they're not taking advantage of the opportunities presented to them because well they don't find yeah. them desirable right and and the question is how do we help people succeed that's the question how do we help people succeed you can if they don't want to this is this is like this right this is a title nine stuff with the sports where it's like you have to spend equal amounts of money on sports right. for women and men well women don't want to play sports well, too bad. (laughs) You have to make them want to play sports. Yeah. Well, that's dumb. (laughs) Men want to play sports a lot more than women. I just, that's a fact. And Coleman, the the same question to you, Justice Thomas presenting this dichotomy that either you embrace colorblindness or if you're not, you're in a world where you're myopically saying race is responsible for everything that goes on in your life. Do you think that that's a fair dichotomy? No, I don't think that's a fair dichotomy. I think there's a lot of gray area in between, and I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't besmirch anyone who disagrees with me as as thinking race is the only thing in life. However, we should back up and understand the 
disagreement between the justices is into in the context of affirmative action which is not a policy that has anything to do with deep inequality in our society but a policy that that affects according to princeton sociologist thomas espenshade about one percent of black and hispanic 18 year olds in any given year the other 99 percent they actually they either didn't graduate high school or they didn't go to a college selective enough to practice affirmative action the class-based policies that i'm talking about that dr king advocated they are actually getting to the core of intergenerational poverty the real issue rather than a race-based policy that is frankly about black and hispanic elites like me that by and large are not at the core of what we're talking about when we talk about the legacy of slavery and so forth so i my position it was the position of the civil rights movement which is that broad-based class anti-poverty programs without regard the without regard to race are the serious interventions with respect to all of the history and current inequalities that continue to exist all right we're going to take a that is such a great point that is such an awesome point yeah yeah you're focused on the elites the interest of the elites <laughs> i'm focused on the interests of the working class well and it's you know it's interesting and and maybe it's just because i'm very biased because i like coleman and i like bowie but when i listen to coleman he's very clear in what he's saying and what he's saying is pretty simple to understand you know he's just saying this you know we need to have this colorblind approach this is the way that we've always done it you know it's been working in the past it's going to work in the future you know boom 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 right and then you know Bowie, what whenever he talks he has like this very comp overly complicated kind of bordering on a word salad but not quite because there is meaning there of like making every issue 10 times more difficult to to break down right he's playing word games because he just wants to say that people who use the term colorblind are racist which is everyone <laughs> right yeah I, I completely agree take a break and we'll be right back with some more discussion and questions from some guests welcome back everybody to open to debate i'm john donvan we have jamel Bowie and Comey. hey they didn't break he tricked I know, us it's great he it's tricked great. us shows the fakeness of these programs in this question does colorblindness perpetuate racism and something we like to do from time to time in the program is to bring in other voices uh who have uh, people who have been thinking and writing about the same issue that we're debating and we have four guests who are going to join the conversation sequentially uh first up we have candace watt smith who is an associate professor of political science at duke and before we get into the guests i just want to point out so because Bowie wouldn't actually address the subject and the whole thing was this this let's play around in categories and definitions throughout this whole conversation there was really very little movement at all right the things that were debated were here's my opening position colorblind is good opening position colorblind is bad a little bit of original civil rights leaders were in favor of colorblindness no they weren't and then the rest is just meaningless because yeah but we wouldn't move the conversation forward because so much of it has to be reliant on very pointless uh word games and very pointless arguments as opposed to like the actual substance of what's going on here 
Yeah, I'm going to amend my statement at the beginning of this. I said it was 90% word games, which would imply that it's 10% substance. I'm going to dial that back to 0.01% substance. Okay. Because <laughs> okay. there's, look, I don't even know that I could tell you this guy's position. No. I mean, it's yeah. funny. The clearest thing to me is just his position that he's a Marxist. Yeah. Do you know his position on quotas? No. I don't no. really know what his race position is. I, I'm assuming it's a CRT position just because he's a Marxist, but I don't know that for a fact. Right. Or because he's he advocating for, for some kind of weird socialism. I don't know if he's an actual Marxist. I, I don't even know. I don't even know because it's he hasn't been very clear at all what the heck his position is. Is he for reparations? We systems. We are, Adam. I don't know if you know this, but we have systems. We live in a society that has systems in play, and you can't ignore those systems because those systems are everywhere. All right, around yeah. you, you walk outside. There's just systems everywhere, every direction. Systems in the air, systems underground. You're walking upon a system right now. We have to solve these systems. Just depends upon whether or not the system is delivering tangible benefit to society or not. I have a big problem with this trolley problem because you're like, listen, listen, shits on one track, okay, is Doomer. <laughs> and on the other track is, all my is the collective work. works of CRT. And you oh. might say, this is a very difficult choice. Who do I want to run over with this that's train? Not a, that's not a difficult <laughs> This choice. is very difficult. And and that's the real question. The problem difficult is that you have, this, you. you have this fatalistic, stupid assumption because you're not asking yourself the real question, Sitch, which is, why are you on a track in the first place? Why does the system of tracks even exist? Why is Doomer tied to the tracks? Why are the collective works of CRT on the tracks at all? Explain the system. You have to get to the system. Such bullshit. These people are wholly uninteresting. Very true. And a freelancer for the Washington Post. Candace, thanks so much for uh, joining us. You can go visible and unmute. Um, I'm not seeing you. Are you there? You are. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Um, I, I prefer if you come in with a question. So I hope you have a question ready to go and, um, and, and please go and welcome. Sure. Thanks. Thanks um, to all involved. Um, uh, one thing that we've heard over and over is um, Sandra Day O'Connor's uh, quote uh, from her Bollinger decision that we expect that in 25 years from now, the use of racial preferences will no longer be necessary to further, um, in this case, uh, the interest in student body diversity approved today. Um, and I guess, you know, and Candace, thought, that was that was 2001. She wrote that 2003. Uh, 2003. I, so we're coming up to the end of her 25 years. Okay. Yes. Um, and, you know, I always thought that was a, a, a kind of odd prediction that hinged on time or expiration rather than some sort of metric of racial progress. Coleman, um, my sense is that uh, maybe you kind of feel like we've moved significantly forward, especially since the civil rights movement. I, I've, I've read that um, on your Substack, and Jamil, it seems that you are focused on uh, kind of contemporary inequalities based on race, um, health disparities, uh, criminal legal system, so on and so forth. My question is, what are our, like, what is a good metric of racial progress. When do we know that the time for not really considering race in public policy has come? Or um, just to wrap around, um, you know, Wendell Phillips, you know, how do we know 
when that day comes. Jamil, can you take that first? Sure. I, I think my focus on group inequality and inequalities across um, uh, different different realms offers the right kind of metric, right? So we know right now, for example, that a middle-class Black family, this is from uh, the sociologist Patrick uh, Sharkey's book, Stuck in Place, that a Black middle-class family lives in a poverty-stricken neighborhood uh, with a degree of the typical Black middle-class family exists in a neighborhood with a level of poverty that the typical white middle-class family will never experience in their lives. Like that's, that's a thing that we know. And so we can have a- Wait a minute. I don't even understand I don't even understand that concept. That means that they're not middle class, though. Right. If they're stuck in poverty, yeah, that's... I don't even... Yeah, I don't understand. What is the argument there? <laughs> okay. A metric, right? Like, one possible metric is looking at neighborhood poverty, neighborhood inequality, socioeconomic uh, integration, and socioeconomic integration in this case, uh, has a clear racial component because Black families are existing in a very different kind of space. It's the legacy of past policies. That is not even legacy of past policies, sort of like the direct consequences of past policies. Legacy makes it seem very amorphous. But no, this is a direct consequence. And so if 30 years down the road, we find that there's no meaningful difference uh, in the kinds of uh, disadvantage faced by middle-class black and white families. And we can say, yeah, we've made considerable racial progress. Now, for me, this does happen against the backdrop of, as, as Coleman described, like class-based policy. But class-based policy has to also take account of this other dimension of inequality, which is actually the civil rights position. The civil rights position is we have to take account of this dimension of racial inequality in addition to doing broad-based class Base actions. The two have to happen in tandem. It's not one or the other. Coleman, I, I want to give you a chance to answer the question, but I think your answer to the question is we're already there. So I'm not sure how how to relate it to you in terms no. of the, the metrics being there to 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 not have to not have race based yeah. policies. Let me briefly respond to 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 Jamel's point. He's correct to point out that even when you hold race constant, there can be leftover income differences such as the the statistic that he pointed let me to. clarify this isn't an income difference this is an exposure to so it's not so much that black middle class families have less money in the same neighborhood but that yeah, but that they're in much more segregated and much agreed. poorer neighborhoods agreed so so just briefly to respond to that if i were a college administrator who wanted to factor that into my calculus which is a valid point of view whether you agree with it or not what would be the better thing to do to use race as a second best proxy for that or actually to get the data on people's census tracts from their address and incorporate that into some sort of adversity score i would very much say the second and that would be consistent with my position i don't think that we should use race as a second or third best proxy for something else when we can actually use that thing uh, directly now to address myself to the questioner's point I think it is based on a false premise that colorblindness depends on some era that we have reached as a society. Colorblindness is a philosophy of how to fight racism that in principle makes sense no matter how much or how little racism there is. That is why the colorblind philosophy was at the heart of the civil rights movement when there was far more racism than there is today. So it's not like colorblindness only makes sense when you get to a certain 
point. It is a method of fighting racism, regardless of how much there is in society. Coleman Hughes is so fucking smart, man. Yes. Great he answer. Totally, he totally is. Yeah. So basically the philosophy is never going to go away because obviously you need that philosophy to right. fight our innate tribalism that will try to rear its ugly head every every chance it gets. Of course. Yeah. Of course. And also, great answer on the why would you pick race as a proxy when the real problem is wealth? Yeah, or whatever Duh. neighborhood you or like, you know, if you're living in some neighborhood that sucks. Duh. Right? Like and and that's I mean it's a great answer because like, okay, we live in the information age. You can just make just use the use the primary information. Why do we have to use race as the secondary proxy for all this stuff? Yeah, no. And like the answer you're... is because they don't believe that. They want they believe race is the primary factor here. Well, because they believe it's racism that's causing it. So if you have a neighborhood that's 90% black and 10% white and you decide you're going to go give checks to all the black people, all the poor black people, but not the poor white people, they're like, well, the blacks are there because of racism. The whites are there because they're lazy pieces of shit, right? Right, right. Of course you don't want to give them money. Well, <laughs> I would be willing to, to bet, not for everyone, but for a lot of these people, Right. That go on the whole everything's a system monologue, right? Right. Oh, I'm talking about systemic oppression, systemic racism, all this you know, all this stuff. That at the end of the day, if you got them drunk enough. <laughs> what, this a, guy, alcohol has right? to be involved, right? Yeah, and they were in a safe space and the truth came out. The real truth that they're operating from is that no, they just think that white people are just racist. Yeah, totally. and that's and all this stuff about systems, all this other shit. That's all just that's all just fancy window dressing to try to address the argument in a way that's acceptable under the current, you know, Overton window. One hundred percent agree. This guy sees every he's basically a racist. He sees every white person as a racist. That's his well, lens. I'm not gonna throw it on him specifically, but why? I, because I don't know, but I'm just saying I would be willing to wager that for all the people that use this kind of systems argument, I don't, I don't buy it for a second. I think at the end of the day that most of them, they just think everyone, they just think, think people look, are just racist. They just think I think racist. right now, Jamal is looking at that moderator and he's going, "This racist fucking moderator." <laughs> okay. This racist moderator totally yeah. just look at him. He's totally obviously on Coleman Hughes, the black face of white supremacy side. <laughs> this is this is the inner monologue that's going right. on. You know it's true. Why? <laughs> right. Look, this is all I don't based, know it's true. I'll give this is all based I'll on be a little bit more good faith character. Right. The only reason to be good faith here is because we don't really have any evidence that this is true. So we could yeah. be incorrect. Right was evidence to present itself which i think probably could happen <laughs> <laughs> yeah that it, it is it is interesting i do think there is a lot of that going on it's good of you to say that candace thank you very much for your question um i now want to bring in uh look i i want to say something too about the 
the hypothetical neighborhood that's 90% black and 10% white. I do think, I do think a luck plays a big role in a lot of times people's station in life. Of yeah. course. Yeah, obviously. So I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's fair. I mean, I do, I do think there could be people in that neighborhood that are lazy, uh, like irregardless of race. And I do think there are people that are in that neighborhood because they've experienced racism. I do think there are people in that neighborhood who've experienced, you know, some sort of hardship that has put them in that place. So it's just, it's not a one size fits all. I hate it that somebody will come along and say, oh, all the black people in this neighborhood are here because of racism, mm -hmm. you know? All, all any, you know, all, all the poor people in this neighborhood are here because they're lazy. I just, I don't like those one size fits all. Because I just, I don't think it's accurate to the real world. I agree. It's very, it's very psychologically, it feels good psychologically for people because they want to simplify the world into this idea that is comfortable for them. Even though the world is often in reality, very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. For our next question, Thomas Chatterton Williams. Um, Spencer Harmon for $20. Thank you, Spencer. Says, I placed an order for the comic today, got the regular and Adam covers, A-Team Reign Supreme. You didn't do it with the pirate voice. What's going on? Yeah. I don't always have to do it with the pirate The pirate voice is fun, though. You got to It is fun. Yeah. Oi! Oi. Oi, matey! Boy, matey. Where's my pirate voice? Where is your pirate voice? I don't know. You tell me. That's the worst pirate voice I've ever heard. A-team. Give me an A-team. It's R. R, matey. A-team reigns supreme because we take all the booty. That's the Give way we Give us your booty, like gentlemen. A-team supremacy. That's right. <laughs> there you go. Can't work on your pirate voice, okay? R. There you go. You work, work on your R. R. Look. Yeah. Go. Oh, go ahead. We got more super chat. Uh, potato. Thanks so much, Potato, for being outside the simulation for thirteen months. That's great. Look at that. Thank you so much, Potato. Uh, says if if Martin Luther King Jr. was only anti riots and pro colorblind for practical reasons and was secretly for them, I don't see why that means people should should riot or not be colorblind nowadays. As some argue, they should rather learn from him and do the practical thing. That's a good point. Of course, they should. That is a great point. Yeah. Uh, Squeeze Louise for twenty dollars says if you haven't seen it, Jordan Peterson was on Bill Maher's podcast recently. It was great, like pre coma vintage Jordan Peterson. I haven't seen it, but I'll check it out. I did watch part of it, and I did think it was good. Yeah. Okay. Nice. The on potatoes thing. I do think. I mean, if if people do have the mindset and they're just adopting this kind of framework to kind of justify their own prejudice against white people if they perceive of all white people as racist it does have to you know be uncomfortable for them to argue for colorblindness if you think the people you're supposed to be colorblind towards are racist against you 
That's got to be standing in the way substantially. Of course. Yeah. Of course. That's the problem. Because that's what they think. They think right. it's all just a trick. Yeah. Yeah. They don't trust it. I mean, uh, Bowie said he 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 doesn't think that, but you know, I don't know. Maybe he honestly doesn't, but I'm skeptical. Uh, Thomas is a, a contributing writer for The Atlantic. He is author of Self-Portrait in Black and White, Unlearning Race. Um, and Thomas, you have uh, debated with us previously, so it's good to see you back with us again. Uh, thanks for joining us and come on in with your question. Hi, thanks for having me. And thank you to Open Debate, Open to Debate and Ted for hosting such a urgent and important conversation. Um, this is completely the opposite of an urgent and important conversation. This is a superfluous conversation that is totally meaningless in the context <laughs> well, of the time I think, that we're living. I think it's urgent to re-solidify colorblindness as the, the way to go forward. I honestly see this as as giving creed this is like when remember when they were talking about how um whether or not they should debate climate denialists whether or not they should put climate denialists on the same stage as as climate change scientists remember that i see yeah, this I, debate yeah. a little bit in that light i don't i don't agree well here's the problem that only works if if the idea being argued is so fringe that you don't want to give it breathing air but if it's not fringe and it's mainstream you do have to argue it and i think one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of scientists and academics and other mainstream uh, mainstream media figures do is they have this holier than thou attitude like i don't have to debate some crazy conspiracy because it's a crazy conspiracy but if like half the country believes a conspiracy you have to fucking debate it even if it's ridiculous because otherwise it's just going to spread. And the fact that you're not debating it makes, gives it air and gives it, and people say, oh, they can't debate the point. So therefore it must be true. I look, there's merit to what you're saying, but I think debating it in an open forum and, and coming forward and saying, look, these nut bags are proposing these policies that are ridiculous. And here's why bam, 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 bam. I think is a more beneficial strategy than to look right. we've all agreed that this guy Jamel has just talked bullshit nonsense the whole fucking time he hasn't even talked about the topic. Why is this guy on the same stage here? Right. Well, so I, I agree with look, you. I yeah. I agree go ahead. Right. I'll let I you agree with you in terms of that like you shouldn't like for like in this conversation if you knew, you know, if Coleman had, you know, future vision. This is like um, a flat earth debate here. He's talking about right. the laws of perspective. I'm like, sure. what the fuck? So, like, and maybe in this debate, you shouldn't go into the debate as like, I'm going to debate the merits of colorblindness. Um, it's more should be, I need to, or I want to expose that my opponent believes a bunch of crazy shit. And that, I don't I think, think that's happening, merit. though. I think No, 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 it's, it's not happening. But I'm saying that maybe that's the way you should handle it. It's a shit is to say, like, look, you believe a bunch of crazy shit. Because the whole like Bowie's position was basically just um you're pretending, you're closing your eyes and you're being blind to racism and race. And then Coleman says, No, I'm not. And then Jamal says, uh, yes, you are. Right. And then and then he was and then Coleman goes, No, I'm not. And it just goes back and forth. 
Maybe, maybe climate change is a is a bad example. I think it's more like flat earthism than anything. Right. Yeah. I just I don't. Well, also, I've, climate change is bad because uh, it's kind of I don't even know what the fuck the answer for climate change is anyway. So. Right. There probably could be more public debate. I, I think there's a lot of like misinformation on both Not sides only that, climate change. Climate but, change is a bad example because I think one of the reasons why the the climate skeptics gained a lot of ground is because the scientific community was totally snooty about it and and didn't want to engage the the skeptics right. or the cynics. So well, I do any, think I right. agree with you that they do need to be engaged on some level. The question yes. is how to do it. Right. I mean, people debate like when the evolution stuff. I mean, people debated all the anti-evolutionists. They did. Yeah. They debated them, and it basically fell upon, you know, they they had to use unscientific arguments, and that's when they lose because we're accepting the framework of science. And so it's the same with climate change that. I mean, to my knowledge, that wasn't really, that didn't ever really happen to the extent that the evolution conversation happened. And I think that's because it's not so clear. It's not like evolution where it's incredibly clear. You just go boom, 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 boom. If you want to disprove it, it's very easy. Just do this. And then no one does the thing to disprove it. The climate change, it's so much more kind of vague and probabilistic that you can't right. really make a lot of these arguments. And the people arguing against it can just very easily make scientific arguments to say, well, no, you're wrong because X, Y, Z. Right. Now, obviously, it's been debated. I'm sure if I went on Google, I would see people debating that shit. But yeah, not yeah. to the extent that evolution just seemed to be like a big thing. So, but anyway, let's continue. Putting aside the question momentarily, does colored blindness perpetuate racism? I'd like to focus on what color consciousness in practice often does. There have long been studies in the American Journal of education and elsewhere showing that nearly half of all so-called black students at Ivy League universities are either foreign born or children of immigrants who are often far more upwardly mobile than American descendants of slaves. It seems that such color consciousness that would conflate the experiences of all so-called black people around the world might even work contrary to American black people's specific interests, as well as the interests, of course, of other Americans of other ethnic backgrounds who are also competing for coveted spaces in this society. How then does such a consistently disingenuous proxy for past discrimination adequately address a system of inequality in Jamel's framing in a fair and relevant way for all Americans, but specifically those who are poor or descendants of American slaves? Thank you. Wow. <laughs> he annihilated him. Holy shit. He annihilate, annihilated Jamel. Yes, because he said, he said, listen, he said, you know, there's been studies on this color consciousness approach. And guess what? Under this color conscious framework that you're talking about, half the students in these Ivy League schools that are people of color, they're not even American, motherfucker. Right. This shit ain't working. Explain it. Why are we basing this on color when it's helping foreigners get into these top slots? It's not helping Americans. What the fuck? Yeah. That uh, is kind of devastating. Yes. But that that's the thing. They don't, they, honestly, a lot of these policies do cater to wealthy progressives who just want to see black faces in those roles and they don't care where they come from. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, Jamel, I think the question was mostly directed to you, but Coleman, <laughs> you're going to get a shot at it also. Sure. 
I, I, it's a great question. I, you know, I think it's interesting that this conversation is moving slowly and slowly to affirmative action in college admissions, for which I don't necessarily hold the view that affirmative action in college admissions is sacrosanct. I don't particularly care about. Okay, nowhere in the conversation, nowhere in that question, did he say anything about affirmative action at all? That's like, this is so annoying, and I hate people to do this. And if dialogue always is listening because you do this too okay someone says something that's kind of in the same like category and your brain just latches onto something specific that was not mentioned so he just brought up colleges as a proxy to say listen when we have people that are fixated on color consciousness approaches you see that it doesn't work okay and this is an example of why it doesn't work look at colleges we're just using this as a proxy right of course it could be small business loans right Exactly. And so for some reason, then uh, Bowie's going to latch onto it and say, well, also, I don't know why we're talking about affirmative action. It's like, well, we're not really talking about affirmative action. We're talking about color conscious consciousness, right? right. And for you to even invoke affirmative action here, I don't even know why you're doing that. Because, I mean, do you obviously you said quotas have been illegal for a long time. So what exactly are you referring to here? What it, I mean, maybe it's part of the problem. He never, what is, the fuck does he mean when he says color consciousness? Yeah, he hasn't taken a firm position here. Right. I don't even know what he's talking about. I don't know what kind of policies he wants. Harvard's attempt to have some sort of like racially balanced class, I think, as I've been emphasizing this entire time, that the relevant things when we're talking about race and public policy are group inequalities that, yes, affect the uh, the most disadvantaged people in our society. And so in that case, in, in, in the case of actual disadvantage, not simply sort of like the particular, you know, college placement of uh, upper income elites, right? I think color consciousness has a real role to play, whether that's in housing policy, whether that is in designing a social safety net, and, and, and a wide variety of circumstances, in addition to thinking about broad-based universal policies, we also have to think about this other dimension of inequality and ways to directly address it and directly touch it and directly affect it the same way we think about class inequality, the same way we think about gender inequality. Uh, and so, you know, in terms of education, right, that to me, would mean a massive investment first in uh, primary, secondary, and higher education, constructing new colleges, really bolstering the workforce, revitalizing higher education in this country. And you know, the conversation about elite universities really. Here's the problem. Listen, I'm all for fixing schools in poor neighborhoods. Okay, the problem is if a bunch of progressive lefty assholes would have no fucking clue how to fix any of these schools in poor neighborhoods at all. Of course not. Yeah. They would they want to do a bunch of hippy dippy bullshit that just doesn't work. So like, listen, we're gonna have a bunch of anti racist teachers. They're gonna teach in these poor neighborhoods yeah, and it's gonna, gonna get all these about kids gen you know? gender equality and the gender right. spectrum. <laughs> we're not we're gonna get rid of all the punishments, right? We're gonna just you know, we're gonna we're gonna really figure out how to motivate these kids and it's just not gonna work. Yeah, of course. It's very sad. <laughs> Uh, misses the fact that higher education is in a state of crisis. So it's 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 sort of doing land grant universities part two, right? Uh, and then all well, this is another thing. If people are people, I, I'm under the impression that they're lowering the requirements for certain minorities to get in be, to attract those minorities to the spots because they're just not that interested. Am, am I wrong about that? For what? 
for like uh, Ivy League affirmative action. Um, well, they're not supposed. Well, that was part of the lawsuit. They're not supposed to legally, I believe, be allowed to lower the requirements. They, and the, the lawsuit was saying that they are. They do. They're saying they're not. Yeah. They have right. a they have a point system. So if yes. you are black and you get a a point for being black, well, you get a point for for having two hundred points on your SAT. So you don't have. To, you literally can get two hundred points no, less no, no, on right, your but, SAT. So. My understanding with the lawsuit was they're like the colleges. I mean, obviously, this is all legal, so it doesn't matter now. But previously, they weren't supposed to have like, oh, if you're black, you get a, you can come in with a lower SAT score. And you can come. You in with can a lower grade. though. You I, literally I, can. I, I okay. The argument was, even though that they said that they weren't doing that, that they were doing that. Oh, okay. That's why they had that chart where they would show like, well, wait a minute, you know, here's like, how is it that black people in like the bottom percentile were more likely to get into Ivy League, the bottom yes. percentile acceptable, obviously, which is still very high. The bottom percentile percentile of acceptability were more likely to get in than an Asian kid in the top percentile, if, right. unless you were doing this thing with quotas secretly. Right. Yeah. Well, just he's he's talking about building a bunch of colleges, and I'm just thinking, if people don't want to go to those colleges, if the problem is culture, right. yes, if going to colleges becoming white and selling being a race trader and nobody wants to do it because of that build all the colleges you want right yeah they're going to fill up with the people who actually want to go to college well that's what was so interesting about what nate was talking about where they had this specific program um that they were trying to get they could get everyone but black males to join these programs that's a cultural effect <laughs> Right, to help, you know, uh, get educated and, you know, to move up. They could get black women, but they couldn't get black males, which is kind of fascinating. Yeah. Also, thinking specifically about, like, what places in the country, what communities in the country need the greatest access to just sort of, like, the best possible education we can provide them. Um, that is going to require us to think about racial inequality. Uh, Coleman mentioned the idea of an adversity score, something I, I don't disagree with whatsoever. But it does seem funny to me, right, that like we can think of all of these uh, ways to... The, I just I want to step in because he's completely... Coleman destroyed this point that you have to think of race when he said, listen, if you have a school that's poor... You know, and they don't, they lack resources to get good teachers and whatever you need to have a good school. Race is irrelevant, <laughs> right? Right. They need resources, whether they're white, said? Asian, mm -hmm. Korean, whatever they are. Yeah. I think the, the killer phrase that Coleman said, and we have to remember, is he said, Why are we using race as a proxy for other things? Why don't we just right. measure the specific thing? And so it's weird that he's about to make this argument saying oh why is coleman he's doing all this like voodoo math to try to just get around race it's like well no he's actually trying to fit, like to hone in on the actual thing <laughs> yeah instead of using race as a proxy for poverty why not just right. focus on the poverty right exactly Uh, create proxies for disadvantage. Instead of just saying straightforward, like yeah, like the descendants of black, black uh, enslaved black Americans, the descendants. Of wait, 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 wait. 
quality. Yeah, you use the word. Uh, Coleman mentioned the idea of an adversity score, something I, I don't disagree with whatsoever. But it does seem funny to me, right, that like we can think of all of these uh, ways to uh, create proxies for disadvantage. Instead of just saying straightforwardly, like, yeah, like the descendants of black, black uh, enslaved Black Americans, the descendants of people who are affected by Jim Crow, they face a particularized situation and we just need to like deal with that. That seems to me much more honest and, and straightforward. It's so funny because it's like literally the opposite. So under that framework, if you had someone who's Black, who's the descendants of slaves, and they are a millionaire okay <laughs> do you're they right. do they get some magical benefit from whatever program you're talking about you're right just because they're black and descended from slaves or is that kind of fucking retarded you're totally right like i don't like this is why this is like this it's insane because he's actually he's making like a weird race essentialism argument like like i don't think he means if to, you're the descendant of slaves that you have to be poor that's the argument that he's well because it's like well no because it's being the descendant unless unless he's made listen maybe he's a very religious man he's making some kind of argument about the soul of black folks okay you know being passed down from generation to generation like just because you've descended from someone who was systemically oppressed by society okay yeah that's going to mean that's generally that's going to mean it's harder for you to succeed because of a million reasons which we all understand intuitively but if you if that person's succeeded right why would you base the system around that metric why would you base a sit like what is the benefit and he says it's more open and honest but it's not why are you like unless it's just like an unless it's just like a like an emotional thing like it's kind of like i just want to be acknowledged maybe that's what it is i just want to be acknowledged for the oppression of my ancestors which maybe it's maybe it's all it is it's just a complete emotional argument just an they just want you know he just wants an acknowledgement or something because the millionaire who's descended from slaves should not get government assistance for any reason they're a millionaire they don't right. need it right but if there's a, a black person who let's say their family moved to america after the civil rights movement in 1970s okay and they're poor why should they not have the same access to any sort of programs that would help poor people just because they're not descended from slaves. Well, then his entire worldview falls apart. So that's the problem here. He's, he's trying to maintain this worldview that the struggle of sl slavery tangibly affected everyone in ways that can never be forgiven or looked past. But even if it, even if it has, it's still stupid because it's like, the argument and this is this is like the crux of why their argument is really dumb okay mm -hmm. if you remove racism intentional racism from the laws okay you throw it away throw in the trash can and you remove intentional racism from society which they're all basically saying that it is gone for the most part they all want to make this sort of systemic racist argument right the know, secret racism the secret the ghost machine. racism that no one can yeah. see the racism in the machine right exactly okay if you're gonna if that's the argument you're gonna make then you say well then you can't argue against what coleman said because then race is irrelevant it's just that yeah maybe race put people in those situations in the first place but the race isn't the factor anymore so that race put the family you know, because of redlining or because of Jim Crow or because of whatever, put the family in the position to be lower economic status. Right. And so why at that point, race is a proxy 
for the actual issue, which is socioeconomic status or class or, or, or you know, resources or whatever you want to, you know, use. Race right, is just but a only proxy in that, at that particular point. situation. Right. And that you don't just get to hand wave it away and say, well, it's more honest. That doesn't mean anything. It's not more honest. Right. It's only more honest if you think everyone's still walking around being racist. Uh, in dealing with uh, problems of inequality, then what to my mind is just talking around it and finding ways to talk around it. I, I want to say, I, I, I feel Jamel slightly dodged Thomas's point. <laughs> oh, get him, <laughs> His point being that race conscious policy, race as a variable runs roughshod over many of the important distinctions such as whether you're a descendant of slaves where you're from your group level income nigerian americans um much higher income than uh, black americans descended from slaves and yet all of the race-based policies by definition lump them together while at the same time claiming that they are trying to address those sub variables that they are running roughshod over and that well, is me, one reason why that, that's one reason why I'm in favor. Uh, I, I'm hardly against policies that are meant to curb disadvantage, but to use race as a proxy for it is just choosing to use a, a worse, less precise proxy when there are better, more precise ones available. See, I, this is why I do think that it is there's racism going on race, specifically racism against white people, because that's what they're trying to avoid. They're like, we don't, we don't want to give money to poor whites who are racists. Mm -hmm. That's that's exactly what they're trying. Well, to I avoid. don't. Well, I I don't know if it's so much we don't want to give money to the poor white people who we think are racist. It's it's more like they do believe people av that advocate for this do believe that poor white people have some sort of lower moral quality or lower moral weight to them because they were granted magical white privilege and they still haven't been able to succeed and so All black people who are poor up, are more deserving of it because you know they you know they had more you know hoops and hurdles to kind of uh, go through and, and get over all of this is from a really screwed up worldview i Just agree this whole world this whole white privilege yes worldview Yes. Toxic. Yeah, of course. Toxic. <laughs> it leads you to all these assumptions that are just, oh man. It's you shouldn't be making these assumptions. Yeah. Yes. Oh, so bad. Coleman's sitting here like, but don't you understand? We could just give money to poor people. And he's thinking, no. <laughs> Damn it. Not going to give money to those poor white races. Right. But he can't come out and say that, right? No. He's got to say, oh, the systemic inequality that goes back to the, to the slavery age. I don't know if it's that they're racist or that they're, you know, they don't deserve it. Black people deserve it, but white people don't deserve it. Right. Well, yeah, there is that. There is that differentiation. Mm -hmm. So two things. Um, the first is if, if Coleman feels that I'm dodging the question, then I, you know, to, to address it more head on then, you know, part of the 
part of the issue is right is that we're affirmative action programs happen in the context prior to this previous Supreme Court decision, uh, Milliken v. Bradley in 1973, 74, uh, which basically ruled out the possibility of using college admissions or anything as a kind of recompense or directly touching the question of racial inequality. The Supreme Court said you can only consider diversity, right? So in that context, yeah, that critique is totally right. It's a critique I've made myself that affirmative action policies don't actually, they're, they're too race consciousness in that manner under those circumstances uh, doesn't address the direct question of inequality. It touches it, but doesn't address it directly. You can imagine a world, let's say a Fortis doesn't leave the court and all of a sudden the composition of the court is a little different and the court says, no, you can consider past racial inequality directly in terms of doing college admissions. In that case, is it is that a proxy? No, that's just directly touching the thing. And so I think it's- uh, Well, no, okay, this is so stupid. It is a pro- it's a proxy, unless you're saying, unless your argument is that there's some magic, okay? I know how everyone on the stream loves magic so much. Oh, unless, yeah. there's, unless there's some magic, that there's a magical quality to slavery, and a magical quality to Jim Crow, and this undefinable magical etherical quality is just passed down through black people that we don't know and we can't explain. It's very spooky, you know. Passes down from you know slave to descendant to descendant to descendant to you know person who's black living in 2023, and they are imbued with this evil magical quality that makes them perform worse in society, right? Unless that's your argument, what he's saying makes no sense. Because then being the descendant of slavery still is a proxy. It's a proxy for something else. Unless he's saying that the intrinsic quality of being a descendant of a slave somehow makes you not able to perform in society today to the same level as everyone else. It's fundamentally it's a reparations argument it's saying they were disadvantaged by slavery and therefore you're going to try to atone for that disadvantage that their ancestors had maybe i don't know well the the thing is part of it yeah the thing is you know obviously fulper winfrey's a descendant of slaves and that's the that's the rub right right because there she, are, are people that were mm-hmm. experienced that disadvantage, but then fortune shined on them. <laughs> right. They're no longer disadvantaged. Yeah. yeah, but so does Oprah Winfrey, because she has the magical intrinsic quality of being a descendant of slave, should she benefit from some kind of specific government policy? Well, I do think people are going to be very upset about it if that's a situation. Well, but that's what he's advocating for. Yeah. I mean, that's I, the question. I mean, I get it. That's the question I ask him to say, okay, if Oprah Winfrey is the descendant of a slave, does she get whatever magical race-based benefit that you want to confer specifically to black descendants of slaves? Right. Because yeah. if he says no, then you say, well, why not? And we say, well, it's because she's rich. Well, because then it means it's a fucking proxy for being rich, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, they're... You're using class as a proxy as well. Yeah. Yes. That and it's be funny because he's like, 
he was complaining. He's like, I agree that the affirmative action thing was wrong from originally. But what he said, if you're really paying attention very closely, he didn't really explain it. So you have to kind of understand what he's referencing. What he's saying is he was against the original affirmative action, not because he's against affirmative action or the idea of affirmative action, helping black people. He was against affirmative action because in the original case, it said affirmative action could only exist not because it's helping black people, but because having diversity in the classroom would confer some kind of benefit to every student in the classroom. Yeah, we went through that on another live stream, which right, is right when we talked about the yeah, a crazy argumentation. Yeah, right, which is kind of why I don't understand why people were not saying that affirmative action was always built upon very shaky legal ground in the first place. Right, that's to me a very difficult argument to defend. I we should just lay out the the defense real quick for people who might not have listened to that live stream because so it's kind of interesting. Right. Yeah. So in the original affirmative action case, I don't remember what year it was, but it was the case that that stipulated that having specific racial quotas was illegal. Right. Because um, it's racism. <laughs> right. The court did acknowledge that having government policies or even private policies, you know, private, you know, private colleges, um, having policies where they use race as a factor, it acknowledged that that was literally unconstitutional. Right. Okay, it acknowledged that. But it said, under strict scrutiny, which means that that's when you can do something that's technically unconstitutional. unconstitutional. Right. Yeah. You can do something that's unconstitutional or illegal as long as you have a really good reason for it, or the government <laughs> can, I guess I should say. The government you gotta can love it. Um, and it said, okay, so it is technically illegal and unconstitutional, but... We have a really good reason, right? And the really what's the good really good reason, Sitch? Well, that was the problem. the 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 ruling specifically said the really good reason was not that black people, because of the history of slavery and Jim Crow, needed a leg up. It specifically said that that was not the reason. And the argument it gave was, if you did that, you would have a continuing sliding scale of oppressed classes that would that get special benefits from the government. And then as soon as they like reached some standard or eclipse the majority group, then you'd have to change all the laws to kind of rebalance things out. Right. And so it was saying that's not the reason. It was saying the re saying that the reason that the government could basically break the law was because diversity. Because having diverse population at a college conferred some kind of educational benefit. Right. to every student at the college regardless of whether they were white or black or asian or whatever which i mean i guess that could in theory be true i don't necessarily think it's like 100 percent untrue but i have no fucking clue how you'd prove that in a court of law It'd be a very difficult thing to prove factually substantively right. and you get so the experience of all these different races right yeah it's just, just they're all operating under an american ethnicity it's like who cares? Right. It was the idea that, you know, if you're white and you go to a college and it has a uh, an ethnically diverse student body, you would end up having a better education because of that. Right. Which, I mean, on a philosophical level, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I don't know if you could construct a law around that. Right. So... I've made this point. I really think... And this is why I've been trying to keep the, I've been trying to really focus on this question of group inequality, because once we get into this stuff, now we're thinking about the legal architecture here and the legal architecture is in fact informed by these debates 
about what constitutes colorblindness, what constitutes race consciousness. Uh, 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 and I think that when we're talking about affirmative action college admissions in 2023, pre this ruling, we do have to take note of the fact that the court essentially set up a situation that would produce the outcome that uh, 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 Thomas was describing in his question. Bowman, do you feel that it was less dodged that time? No. Yes, I do feel that like it was less oh. dodged. Wow. Um, although, I, I mean, the, the point still remains, I guess, that you you receive the the racial groups as the best groups to be using as metrics in public policy. I didn't say when, that. I've never, I've never said yeah, that. I, I don't said, think I've heard Jamel say that either. I've said okay. that when well, addressing enough. racial so, inequality, we should direct, we should address racial inequality. That's my claim. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. That is some sneaky, sneaky bullshit. Okay, wait a minute. Let's How go do you back. not address the race? Wait a minute. If that's We're at 5946. Okay, we need to go back. We need to go back in time here. See what was specifically said. I, I feel Jamel slightly dodged Thomas's point. His point being that race conscious policy race as a variable runs roughshod over many of the important distinctions such as whether you're a descendant of slaves where you're from your group level income nigerian americans um much higher income than uh, black americans descended from slaves and yet all of the race-based policies by definition lump them together while at the same time claiming that they are trying to address those sub variables that they are running roughshod over and that well, is me, one reason why that, that's one reason why i'm in favor uh, I, i'm hardly against policies that are meant to curb disadvantage but to use race as a proxy for it is just choosing to use a a worse less precise proxy when there are better more precise ones available so two things um the first is if, if coleman feels that i'm dodging the question then I, you know, to, to address it more head on, then you know, part of the part of the issue is right is that we're affirmative action programs happen in the context prior to this previous Supreme Court decision, uh, Milliken v. Bradley in 1973, 74, uh, which basically ruled out the possibility of using college admissions or anything as a kind of recompense or directly touching the question of racial inequality. The Supreme Court said you can only consider diversity, right? So. In that context, yeah, that critique is totally right. It's a critique I've made myself that affirmative action policies don't actually, they're, they're too race consciousness in that manner under those circumstances uh, doesn't address the direct question of inequality. It touches it, but doesn't address it directly. You can imagine a world, let's say a Fortis doesn't leave the court and all of a sudden the composition of the court is a little different and the court says, no, you can consider past racial inequality directly in terms of doing wait wait or and all address the direct question of inequality it touches it but doesn't address diversity right so in that context yeah that critique is totally right it's a critique i've made myself that affirmative action policies don't actually they're they're too race consciousness in that manner under those circumstances uh doesn't address the direct question of inequality it touches it but doesn't address he switches from reparations to inequality here 
don't know. Yeah, he says contact. doesn't. So okay, so he specifically says doesn't address inequality. But okay. before he said it doesn't address reparations, which I'm just in the case of the Oprah Winfrey situation, you would owe her reparations. Did he say the word reparation? Well, he said recompense. He for which is from I would assume re uh, compensation diversity, right? So this is why it's so annoying because he speaks so unclearly. In that context, yeah, that critique is totally right. It's a critique I've made myself that affirmative action policies don't actually they're they're too race consciousness in that manner under those circumstances uh, doesn't address the direct question of inequality. It touches it but doesn't address it directly. You can imagine a world let's say a Fortis doesn't leave the court and all of a sudden the composition of the court is a little different and the court says, no, you can consider past racial inequality directly in terms of doing college admissions. In that case, is it is that a proxy? No, that's just directly touching the thing. And so I think it's, I, I've made this point before, but I really think, and this is why I've been trying to keep the, I've been trying to really focus on this question of group inequality, because once we get into this stuff, now we're thinking about the legal architecture here. And the legal architecture is, in fact, informed by these debates about what constitutes colorblindness, what constitutes race consciousness. Uh, 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 and I think that when we're talking about affirmative action college admissions in 2023, pre this ruling, we do have to take note of the fact that the court essentially set up a situation that would produce the outcome that uh 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 thomas was describing in his question okay so coleman uh, said and in his his question or about the dodge he said if we're trying to curb disadvantage we shouldn't be using race as a proxy okay that was right. his that was the the core of his statement <laughs> he did allow wiggle room for a bad actor to sort of hyper fixate on slavery specifically. But Bowie specifically says that the type of race conscious policy that the current affirmative action, or I should say the previous affirmative action allowed, did not address inequality. He didn't say did not address, you know, the slavery specifically. He said inequality broadly. Okay. okay. True. Holman, do you feel that it was less dodged that time? Yes, I do feel that like it was less okay. dodged. Um, although, I mean, the, the point still remains, I guess, that you you receive the, the racial groups as the best groups to be using as metrics in public policy. I didn't say when, that. I've never, I've never said yeah, that. I, I don't said, think I've heard Jamel say that either. I've said okay. that when well, addressing enough. racial so, inequality, we should direct we should address racial inequality. That's my claim. Okay, so this is why I'm saying he's being kind of sneaky, or at least he's. If I'm going to be charitable here, he's being, he's very shitty in how he speaks and very imprecise in how he speaks, because obviously, if you're not retarded, and Coleman Hughes asks you that question about if your goal is to curb disadvantage, why are we using race as a proxy? Okay. Obviously, if you're a human that understands English, the question is not about specifically curbing racial disadvantage. Racial disadvantage is saying if you're trying to curb disadvantage in our society broadly, overall, why are you using race as a proxy? And so therefore when you're answering that question, 
and you say such and such doesn't address inequality, and you don't say racial inequality, you just say inequality, how else are you supposed to interpret that answer? You tell me. You're supposed to interpret that he's talking about the same level of inequality that the Coleman Hughes is talking about. So Coleman is actually completely correct to say, well, why are you, you're, you're saying that everything has to go down to race. You're saying race is the best proxy. And he's saying, no, 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 I didn't say race is the best proxy. I said race is the best proxy when talking about racial inequality. What's a fucking retarded statement? Because the entire argument is about, well, is what causes racial inequality is racial inequality because of race or is it because of other factors? That's the entire argument. So for him to, to play this game and say, well, I didn't say that. I just said this very simple tautology that's so stupid, I would never actually utter it in a conversation. Why would you ever say the best thing to measure racial inequality is to measure race inequality? Why would anyone say those words? Yeah, it's a total tautology. I don't know what he's getting at. Why is like well, if okay, if he's not acknowledging if he's saying, look, I'm not saying we should look at race, but we have to deal with race. Like what is he saying to look at then? So okay. Why does so he Col keep say so Coleman's calling him out? Why is he what is he pivoting to? So Coleman said, Why are you using race as a proxy? Right. And Bowie didn't answer the question, except to say that there's some sort of magical intrinsic property to being a slave, whatever that means. So then Coleman correctly says, Receive well, the, the, the racial groups as the best groups to be using as metrics in public policy. I didn't say when, that. So he's saying, so actually you could correct and say, well, he didn't actually say race was. He said, whether you have slaves as an ancestor. Yeah, he's talking right? about. He, that's why he uses right. the word recompense. Yes. He's talking about reparations. Right. And so you could say, so so if he, Bowie could say, well, I didn't say race, I said ancestry. <laughs> but then it's like, right. well, why does that matter? <laughs> why is that the best thing? I've never I've never said yeah, that. I, I don't said, think I've heard Jamel say that either. I've said okay. that when well, addressing enough. racial so, inequality, we should direct we should address racial inequality. Yeah, but see, this is why that's a it, so, it's okay. so stupid right. though, because that's you can have racial answer. inequality right. because an immigrant comes over and has no money. Yes. So yeah. but that's why he's being kind of dishonest in his framing here. Because he didn't say, Well, I didn't say race, I said ancestry, which was his argument. And you could make some and he could there is a reason why you want to differentiate that, but he doesn't. He just said, oh, the well, best way to fight racial inequality is to fight racial inequality. It's so simple. Why are you stupid, Coleman? Why don't you understand this? The question forces him to differentiate it because the guy so clearly said, listen, you're yeah. concocting all of these policies that are literally helping black immigrants over descendants of slaves. Right. You're moving further away from the whole reason for the policy. Right. That's my claim. So how do you feel about ethnic inequality, given that it's the difference in income and outcomes between different white ethnic groups are vast, and the differences in outcomes between that? black... Sure, sure. So if you look at the difference in income between American white Americans of French descent and white Americans of Russian descent, it's like 80 cents on the dollar, for example. Uh, how do you distinguish between those groups 
Uh, I mean, if you look at the difference between Indian Americans and Pakistani Americans, outcomes are vastly different uh, in terms of income. So how do you distinguish between the, the groups that inequality in which justifies policies that name those groups and use those groups as categories and those that don't? That's an amazing question. Yeah, you did good. It, now, I, I don't know. I would love to see those statistics if they've done a breakdown of white ancestry in terms of success and say, well, wait a minute. Is it like only certain groups of white people that are doing well? Are certain other groups doing statistically worse? How do you address this? How do you address this? Because that's actually very fascinating because you say, well, why is that happening? Right? Yeah. I mean, some people would just, the intuition is some people like to work hard and some people like to relax. Because I saw this, I had, I saw this chart that did this for, for the various Asian groups. And there's a huge disparity between Indian, Chinese, Japanese, Vietnamese, uh, Filipino, Lao, Mongolian. There was like this huge difference between all these various groups and yet they're all Asian. Right, the Asian people got super pissed about that. Right, so how does that work under Bowie's framework? Because they're all just called Asian. Right. They're like, look, I'm being I'm being discriminated against for being Asian, but I'm on the lower end of the Asian. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I right? need. I need the affirmative action. Help me. My family was poor. I did bad on my SATs. Yeah, actually, I forget. One of the worst performing groups in the entire country is an Asian group. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you if you can be brief because I want to get to our uh, next sure. question. Or sure. I think this is a very simple thing to answer. The simple answer is when it comes to generalized income inequality, we have universal policies for that. When it comes to inequalities that we can tangibly trace to past decisions by the state, by private interests, to specifically disadvantage a group on the question on the basis of race, then you pay attention to that specifically. Thank you for that. That's a bad answer because you'd say, well, wait a minute. That doesn't answer the question. Because if you look and you say, okay, well, here are descendants of slaves and some of them have succeeded and don't need the government assistance and some of them do, then it means that that's a proxy for something else. Right, some other factors taking place. Right. Obviously, this, this being a descendant of the slavery isn't a decisive factor if some people have overcome it. Right. And thank you, Thomas, for your question. And Monica Williams, you can come uh, eternally. And you know, it's funny. That would be, even if we were to say, okay, descendants of slaves, right? This is actually the most hilarious thing. If you were to say, okay, Bowie, we're going to construct a policy that's going to specifically give people assistance that were the descendants of slaves. Guess what? That's what? a fucking colorblind law, bitch. <laughs> is it? You're, saying, you're not saying black people because some black people don't apply. It has nothing to do with the color. It has to do with their specific ancestry of whether they were slaves or not. Does, don't you think all of us could go back far enough and we would all be descendants of slaves eventually sure right but i'm just saying i think it's hilarious in this in this argument where he's supposed to be taking the position that colorblindness is bad he's literally wants a colorblind application 
He doesn't want it to be based purely on skin color at all. He wants it to be based on a non-skin color related factor, which is right. ancestry uh, ancestry to slaves and slavery. That is funny. Yeah. Yeah. Were there white slaves in America? I don't even know. There were in the beginning. On your camera, I, I want to invite Monica Williams, a professor of psychology at the University of Ottawa and a licensed clinical psychologist and freelancer for psychology today to join the conversation. Thanks, uh, Monica, for joining us. Come on in. Oh, thank you so much for having me here today. Um, so my question is this. Well, first of all, targeting poverty, it is a worthy goal, but it's a mistake to think that that's going to eliminate racism. For example, most, if not all black Americans, even those who are well off financially still suffer from racism. And the majority of black Americans are not poor. Most are middle class, middle class and affluent black people still face racism, like glass ceilings in the workplace as we're unfairly denied promotion. We receive inferior medical care. And on average, we do not have all the advantages of white matched peers. And as a clinical psychologist, I've, I see many people of color of all income levels suffering from racial trauma. In other words, symptoms of PTSD due to racism that they've experienced in their lives. And so how can we address problems like this from a colorblind perspective? What a great question. That is a good one. You're being sarcastic. <laughs> no, of course not. You didn't like that question? No. Such? Well, first Why? of all, I didn't like that she's like speaking from a tin can somewhere. Okay, get a fucking microphone, Jesus. Look, she's in Ottawa. Okay. Well, okay, that's what I was gonna say. Number two, why the fuck is a Canadian weighing in on American racial policies? What the fuck does she know about this stuff? She's in yeah. Ottawa. Yeah. No. I couldn't tell. Obviously, get out of my country, you leaf. Actually, she looks very white to me. She's not. It's the it's the quality of her shitty camera. Oh, really? Yeah, because I looked. She, up, she has like a big website. She said, "We, we, we." As in, is she black? I don't know. I mean, she's of color. I don't know what she is specifically, but okay. Let's hear him address the so, racial trauma. Well, before we do that, so it's really funny. So I go on her website. Mm -hmm. The first thing at the top says. It's a picture of her on a stage talking to a crowd, which is nice. kind of funny because she's supposed to be a psychologist. And it says, critical social issues. <laughs> no. I love that word, critical. <laughs> critical social issues. Very interesting. And then you you scroll down a little bit. Oh, no. And then the banner changes and it says, equity and care in cool. Canada. Oh, okay. Equity and care. That's very fascinating. And then... Right under that, it says, the fight for justice. Justice. Expert witness services. Wow. Oh, okay. So if you ever like want to, if you ever listen, wait, let's see if this is what I think it is. I'm wondering if this is like, if you ever want to hire someone for a discrimination case, okay, because you're going to sue your employer, say that they were a racist against me, you can go to this right. lady. So let's see. I have Let PTSD from my employer being a dirty racist. <laughs> Oh, here you go. This is exactly what I thought it was. Expert witness for discrimination cases. Sweet. <laughs> Dr. Williams can conduct a comprehensive assessment to determine if a client has been affected by PTSD or other mental health diagnoses due to their experiences with discrimination and present this information to court. Man. 
if I'm on a jury and I see her as an expert witness, you know what I'm thinking? Innocent. <laughs> Innocent. Yes. Exactly. She is most frequently retained to address cases of racism in the workplace, which has included experiences of discrimination by universities, businesses, nonprofit organizations, law enforcement, government agencies. For criminal cases, she is most frequently consulted to to assert to I'm sorry, to ascertain the impact of racial trauma as an explanation or mitigating factor for alleged crimes. Wow. Holy shit. Do you want to know what racial trauma is? Because there's actually a link on our website. Yeah, let's hear it. Sounds racial tra Racial trauma. Racial trauma is the traumatizing psychological impact of experiences of racism. Dr. Williams' scholarly works includes racial trauma, PTSD, and cultural diversity, historical trauma, cultural trauma, and related materials. Race-based wow. stress and trauma have always existed in our practices. But do we know how to identify it and truly address it? Okay, so wait a minute. This is kind of insane. So, what she she's saying? Number on there, let's call her up. Yes, yeah, there is. Say, so listen, I live in California, and I feel like people don't like me. I feel like they think I'm racist, mm -hmm. and it's giving me PTSD. What do I do? <laughs> so this is insane. Okay. Because let's go back. So racial Someone trauma. Someone call me a racist on Twitter and I don't like it. <laughs> racial trauma is that you experience some kind of PTSD or trauma because of living in a racist society. That's what racial trauma is. Okay. Okay. And then she says that she can be an expert witness for criminal cases where she's most frequently consulted to, to ascertain the impact of racial trauma as an explanation or mitigating factor for alleged crimes. <laughs> so what that means is like, well, listen, if you committed a crime, it's not your fault because of racial I, trauma. I knew that was coming. I knew that she was going <laughs> to be, like, what the fuck? she's going to be some witness in, in a criminal defense case where they're like, oh, look, I had to assault them. I'm, people have been racist against me. My client may have stabbed 30 individuals because they were continually let out of prison again and again. But it's only because society was racist against them. They made them the monster. That's so sick. Did you ever read um, The Dark Knight Returns? Read the Dark Knight Returns? Or okay, I know it's a stupid fucking question. Have I mean, I saw the movie. There was a no, 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 not the. There's a cartoon movie of the Dark Knight Returns where it's like Batman is like really old. No, and like okay, well, in it there's a funny part. It's funny. It's very. I think Frank Miller did it, so it's obviously conservative. Um, there's a part where like the Joker is on a talk show and the, and the host is like. Isn't it true that just society, like the the frustrations and 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 like horribleness of society, is what made you who you are? And the Joker's like playing up how like yes, he's this innocent victim, and it's all just because society that's made him like the horrible person that he was. And then of course the scene ends with the Joker killing everyone in the audience. I <laughs> so love it's just it. Like and it's just like this is what this reminds me of, you know. No, it's, it's someone great. else's fault. Yeah. Just an excuse. She's a professional excuse maker. Right. This oh my God. This is amazing. So it says expert services provided for discrimination cases involved racial harassment in the workplace, 
Okay. That's expected, right? Sexual harassment in the workplace. Okay. Wrongful termination due to race discrimination. Okay. Trauma, uh, racial and gender discrimination by child protective services. Traumatization of students from bullying and abuse in schools. Whoa. Okay. Okay. Um, reproductive violence by medical professionals. Somebody sexual some, assault. I don't know why it's somebody assigned violence. the wrong gender at birth. I guess mistreatment of sex of sexual minorities by law enforcement. What the, what is a sexual what is a minority? Sexual minority. Yeah, that's men, so, right? Because there's so like more in, women than men. Is it? Is it? Or does it mean like LGBT or something? No, it's, here it's here's men, I, obviously. Yes. Here's my favorite: racial trauma to explain flight from law enforcement. <laughs> What was that again? Racial trauma to explain flight from law enforcement. No way. Oh, my God. There you go. Listen. She's the chief excuse maker for resisting arrest. Yeah. It's totally fine that they resisted arrest, okay? Because they're not white. So they have racial trauma. This is, they create the problem. I know. By creating the stereotype that all cops are one of, you know, bloodthirsty killers of black people. Then when people respond to that stereotype and run, they come in and solve the problem. Look, uh, I sense a racket going on here. So I just kept scrolling. I don't even know if I should read this. I don't even know if I should read this because it, it, it leans way too hard into the stereotype. Of this person? yes i mean go go for it look okay. i don't the stereotype she's like a walking stereotype you're not gonna you're not gonna when i say this it's gonna seem like it came out of left field but then you're gonna go oh no you're gonna go oh i know what you're saying okay you're not prepared for what i'm about to say okay perfect okay underneath it says expert witness for ocd cases Obsessive okay. compulsive. Yeah. And it says disorder. obsessive compulsive disorder is frequently misunderstood. Dr. Monica Williams has psychological expertise surrounding individuals struggling with obsessive compulsive disorder. So I when I read that, I thought, oh, you know, like I wonder if she's OCD and all these people are OCD about thinking as racist everywhere, right? That would be horrible, but right. continue. That's not where it goes. Where do you think I'm gonna go with this before I before I read the next sentence? Where do you think this is going? Where where what is the fixation of the OCD? Is that what you're asking me? What is her specific psychological expertise on OCD? Hmm. What, like, what specific part of it, or like, what specific type of OCD do you think I'm gonna about to read to you? Yeah, I don't know. Could be anything. Just give me, give me a guess. Uh, obsessed with sex. Close. <laughs> Look, I'm a good guesser. You're okay? close. Well, I say it plays into some kind of negative stereotype. Obsessed with gender. No. I was closer with sex. Yes. Obsessed with masturbation, gay sex. No. no. Infidelity. Dr. Monica Williams has psychological expertise surrounding the individual struggling with obsessive compulsive disorder, particularly those experiencing system symptoms of pedophilic themed obsessive no. compulsive oh disorder. God. Oh my God. No, <laughs> she's a fucking pedo apologist. Wait, it gets worse. She offers expert witness services and assessment 
for individuals she defends pedos right hold on it's gonna get so much worse she offers expert witness services and assessment for individuals whose fitness as a parent is called into question due to misdiagnosis or misunderstanding of this specific condition does that mean the parent is a pedo or i don't or- know what it means i don't know it's so oh. bad and this is the person that's asking questions in this well now we know why they changed their name from intelligence squared okay <laughs> oh, i have to read this it says having written a definitive treatment manual about sexual obsessions in ocd for the oxford university press she's well equipped to clarify misconceptions and educate the court about the true nature of pedophilic themed obsessive compulsive disorder look at she's such an apologist oh this so disgusts me i i mean i want to read what she wrote about it before i uh make a definitive claim here but that that doesn't sound good that doesn't sound good even the language is apologetic what are you talking about i mean i completely on the surface it, it definitely seems to be yes definitely seems to be so I don't want to buy her book, though. Oh, my God. No, oh, it's free it. on Audible. Maybe I'll just get... <laughs> Did I get this on Audible? I don't even know if I want to. God. What's the name of the book? Sexual Obsessions and Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. It's got to be just... Horrible. Yeah, I don't want to listen to that. I'll see if it's on one of those free book sites (laughs) i bet a waste of fucking time jeez okay okay so that was her question and of course she asked the wokey the wokiest woke question she could think of right yeah she's a pedo apologist of course it's gotta be the wokest (laughs) That sounds like a challenge to your position, so I'd like you to take it first. Well, I'd like to remind the 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 questioner of the I don't know if I'd call it trauma, but the deep um, the deep distress that is precisely caused by some of the race conscious policies that are allegedly fixing racism, such as the one I pointed out in my opening remarks about Asian students hiding their Asianness on their college applications. Uh, this is a direct result not of colorblindness but of race conscious policies now if you're talking about people that have experienced racism i've experienced racism i understand racism is a deep human scourge it exists in every society it is like like hate and aggression it it is part of the uh the the worst angels of our nature uh to say that it it is not gone is a is a truism because it's never going to go away completely any more than murder or hatred or jealousy or envy in general what we can do is raise our children enshrined with the principles of the civil rights movement namely to judge people uh based on the content of their character rather than their skin color uh to insist that they be treated that way by others and to eliminate further race injury from our public policy. Mel? Um, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll respond to, to Coleman's response there. Um, 
I, I feel like I need to contest this notion that racism is some sort of timeless evil been with human beings in memorial, because I think it, that kind of forms the foundation of the disagreement we have here. Now, I said in my opening statement that race is historically contingent, and that's the case. We can see in legal documents, we can see in the construction of legal codes across what's now called what, what we call the new world. We can see the construction of racism and the construction of race as a result. It's a historically contingent phenomena that is the product of a particular set of material relations between groups. Right. And so that implies if it's historically contingent, that implies that it's not actually some timeless thing. It's a thing that is constructed. This is this retarded. Is so dumb. Yeah, this is so stupid. How can you utter these words with any sense of not embarrassment to yourself? Yeah, because those institutions are constructed based on the moral intuitions driving them. Duh. I mean, is this guy... Is he a blank slater? Is he one of these like That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Oh my god. The people are born totally good and innocent, and then the evil society places the racism in their hearts. That's it's gotta like, be the notion that he's operating under. This yeah. is so dumb. As the if only... tribalism isn't a persistent feature in our society and all societies of all time ever. Yes. Yes. I mean, and obviously racism is a form of tribalism. Yes, the only time yeah, that course. humans were not racist was when humans didn't have the technology to to physically visit humans of other races. <laughs> well, and then they constructed racism because, you know, they distinguished themselves from the tribe next door. And Yeah, but it wasn't based on race. It'd be based on some other factor. Right. right. The tribalism so, still right, existed, it was, though, you know, between sure. various as, groups of people. As soon as yeah. humans had the technology to go visit humans of other races. Racism was born that day. <laughs> okay. Right. It's, it's, we don't need this stupid answer. This is ridiculous. As long as there's no systems of oppression between the people, there's no races. <laughs> oh, God. I know. It's, he, he's j jamming everything possible into this worldview. The worldview yeah. shapes everything. Of course. Everything. Yeah. that is inscribed and it's re-inscribed over time through different institutions through different structural features of a society through different relationships between groups and does so that make you, my, does that make you an optimist jamel i think that makes me an optimist I, I i very much believe in the capacity of human action to like make a better world for ourselves and so in my view right the reason to address uh directly you can be optimistic about race relations without subscribing to this completely untrue statement. <laughs> that is, but of cool. course you can. And okay. being an optimist has nothing to do with whether your worldview is accurate to reality or not. Yeah, that's true. ...address racial inequality isn't because of something that has to do with racial identity, isn't because of something intrinsic to people, none of that. It's just that it's a it's a powerful vector for inequality that shapes our society and that we should do something about it the same way that we would do anything about any other form of inequality insofar that we're egalitarians but not all of us are egalitarians but i am and i think race egalitarianism is very much a part of that Coleman, before i go into the next question any other thought on um monica's question i'm a race egalitarian as well in the sense that i believe that 
the law and in our personal lives, we should not treat people with regard to race. We should not racially discriminate. But the issue, the issue is not our personal interactions here. The issue is like structural group inequality, right? Like I'm colorblind in my everyday life, right? I don't treat people differently on the basis of race, but I'm also very much aware of structural group inequality as a result of historically contingent things and things that we can see in the public record, in policy, in law, and all of these things. That's to me the, the So when he sees a white person at the Starbucks and he thinks that person benefits from structural inequality, he's not personally racist <laughs> against that person. That's just impossible for me to fathom. Like how you could look at somebody like that and say, look, society is basically bending over backwards to help you and fucking me up the ass. But well, I don't feel any racism towards you. Well, that's also, I mean, that's why it's kind of the, what he's saying is ridiculous. He's like, well, individually in my personal life, I view through a colorblind lens. Because it's like, well, no, you don't. Because basically, if you interact with someone who's black um, or you see someone on the news who's black, and you see them being arrested or you see them committing a crime or you see them not being able to get to school or something and you in your mind then say well they couldn't you know they're in this bad situation because of the history and oppression of systemic inequality blah 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 blah, blah, blah. that's you not being colorblind that's you making a bunch of assumptions about someone based totally on their race. totally totally so you're not being colorblind in your daily life no. your your ideology doesn't allow it right the important that's the that's the vector for which on um, which we're discussing not so much our individual relations which again people should be colorblind person to person but in terms of public policy in terms of uh the shape and nature of our society look i how can you make an argument that colorblindness is racism and then uh, in the same debate say people should be colorblind individually towards one another Aren't you acknowledging the importance of colorblindness then as a as a philosophy? Listen. <laughs> nothing it's nothing has to make sense here. Okay. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, like, what are you gonna say? Oh, I'm for individual colorblindness, but systemic colorblindness is racist. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't sitch. I don't like where this is going. You don't like this? No, it's just it's completely convoluted and stupid. Mm -hmm. I don't think we should be, I think we right. should be embracing colorblindness, not trying to degrade it like this debate does. Mm. For your, for our fourth question, we'll bring in another pedo apologist from Stanford University. Question, Monica, is, and Coleman, you can continue and then I'm going to go to our next questioner. There's a Mott and Bailey happening here Yes, where you know, obviously what I'm critical of are actual policies with, which discriminate against people on, on a vector that they can't control, namely their race in the name of justice. But what you defend is that you are just aware of the history. Of course, I'm not against being aware of the history. I'm not against being aware of the structural inequalities that have obtained throughout American history. I'm against uh, the race conscious approach, the toxic race conscious approach to allegedly fixing them by creating more racist policy. I, I want to bring in our uh, allegedly fixing them. Now he's just the gloves are off. Great, he's like, listen, great answer. Yeah, this is bullshit. You yep. want a bunch of racist policies that are going to make things worse, and here you are just hiding it in a bunch of word salad bullshit. 
not addressing the actual substance of the argument. I'm over it. Give me another question from another pedo apologist. <laughs> Just because of time, Jamel, if that's okay. Thanks for your thanks for your forbearing. Uh, I want to bring in Robert George, who is an independent journal. You like that move? He's like, I'm going to cut you off and then thank you for your forbearing. Or you right. even acknowledge it. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Robert, coming into the conversation, and the floor is yours. Um, thank you very much. Uh, and in the uh, interest of full disclosure, I should say uh, I was uh, born in Trinidad and grew up partly in England, so uh, I bring that kind of perspective um, into this. Um, my, my, my question is, and this touches a little bit on the Sandra Day O'Connor's opinion from, from, from 20 years ago, um, so much of our history um, has been based on, uh, for what a, for uh, one of a better phrase, um, the black-white um, binary um, when it comes uh, when it comes to race. Um, uh, one of the I think insights uh, that came out of Sandra Day O'Connor's decision is that uh, America, circa uh, twenty twenty three or twenty twenty eight, what do you want to when you talk about it, is very different than it was uh, in nineteen sixty in nineteen sixty three when King um, spoke um, at the at the march on Washington. And so, um, my question is: um, Are we, in a sense, being forced into something? of a colorblind position when it comes to public policy, given that the black-white binary has, in a sense, largely collapsed. Um, Coleman mentioned a couple of times um, how uh, you know, certainly the uh, Harvard uh, decision was kind of uh, focusing on the issues of uh, Asian, um, Asian American students. Um, and given that's where we are given that's where we are now do we need to create a new um language for dealing with these things because even the phrase people of color now sends, tends to focus more just on black and hispanics and and asians have become now almost honorary whites in, in, in given the language we've had in the okay. past I, again um what the fuck was the question <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's interrupting him and telling him to get to the question. What is the question? I don't even understand what he's at. What is he? Where is the question? What is the question? Was he done? I don't know. No, he's interrupting him to say, is there a question here? Look, we're running out of time, buddy. We're down to about a minute, so I'm going to give each of you a minute to answer that question. And Oh, wait, that was the question. <laughs> what was the question? I don't even I understand the question. I didn't hear a question. I'm not going back to listen to that to try to piece that together because I'm right. Just, Let's just uh, hear their responses. Okay. Coleman, you can go first. I think I understand what you're saying. I mean, I think when the when the nation opened up, you like that. He's like, I think I understand. <laughs> it's like, uh, I would have been like, I'll let I'll let Bowie answer that question first. <laughs> That's a good idea. I'll go second. I'll go second to immigration in 1965 and we got lots of people that were not uh white and black in the typical way we think of that as americans it did create a problem because in 65 you could make uh, a, a very compelling you know short-term um recompensation argument and it would not end up hurting immigrants who just arrived here because the borders had been effectively closed for 40 years um and so yeah i i do think the increase in diversity has moved us towards a more logical 
and long run sound position, which is that we're not going to invite people to this country as immigrants and then start um, putting putting them into a racially rigged machine. That's not the deal that America should be about anymore. Um, this is my I have been making a essentially a claim for specificity when targeting inequality, and I think that applies here as much as anywhere else. The president. <laughs> <laughs> He's been making arguments about specificity, huh? Huh? Well, I, just, I wish he would just come out and say, "Look, I'm for reparations. I'm for giving resources to people who are the descendants of slaves." Right? Because that seems to be his his policy. Presence of other groups. And it's important to say, right, that sort of like ethnicity, right, is a socially constructed thing. These are all socially constructed. So, you know, if it, in, the, in the 1920s, you could think of um, uh, the United States as being a multiracial country, just for like the races or various categories of European, right? Um, we are, we want to. Wait, 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 wait. Let me go back for a second. It's hard to hear him because it's breaking up. That's on his end, by the way. It's not a group. Since it's important to say, right, that sort of like ethnicity, right, is a socially constructed thing. These are all socially constructed. So, you know, if it, in, the, in the 1920s, you could think of um, uh, the United States as being a multiracial country just for like the races or various categories of European, right? Um, we are, we want to, in my view, we want to specifically target the consequences of racist public policy for those affected by racist public policy specifically slavery right that's the one i mean i guess there might be other public policy like he might go into the the black wall street which yeah I never sure, remember this. slavery and general jim crow-ness right yeah i'm yeah i guess there was a bunch of jim crow policies in the south right okay not means it means specifically about that vector of inequality and so that to me it, in the abstract right like let's set aside the political consideration but just in terms of can it work um i think it can work just as well in a much more diverse society than it would uh, uh in a supposedly binary society i don't think that i don't think i don't think that is um uh, out of the question Thank you, Jamel, and thank you, Robert, and thank you to all of uh, okay, our, our, our participants of the, right. uh, from the last few minutes uh, coming in with your questions. We really appreciate it. We're going to move now into our closing round. Like our opening round, our closing round has a little bit of formality to it. Each debater gets up to 90 seconds to make a closing argument or a closing point on why they are arguing yes or no in answer to our question, does colorblindness perpetuate racism? Um, Jamel, you are answering yes to the question, and this is your time for your closing statement. The floor is yours. <laughs> Thank you, uh, and thank you for this this really uh, uh, wonderful debate. This has been great. My position from the start has been that we need to, to that to target a particular form of inequality. We actually have to be attentive to that particular form of inequality. We are attentive to class inequality by addressing the relations of domination between groups. We are attentive to gender inequality by addressing the relations of domination between groups. But for some reason that when it comes to race inequality, we've decided that it is beyond the pale to attend to the domination between groups. And I'm saying that, no, that's not the case at all. The con yeah, But even in his own example, that's dumb. Because it's bullshit, yeah. With, quote, gender inequality, the answer is supposed to be 
gender, gender blindness. blind policies. <laughs> exactly. That's the way we've chosen to tackle all of those. Right. Yeah. I mean, the only way you would say it's not is for socioeconomic tasks, but that's not it's not a biological factor factor, right? You're like saying you have some material factor uh that provides you specific resources that people can measure. Sure. I mean, even in the case of law and criminal justice system, the whole idea behind well, a public true. defender is addressing class inequality. Sure. Yeah. Theoretically, obviously, the public defender is far shittier than your Of private. course, of course, yeah. That's where the weakest case is made, obviously. Yeah. It's much well, it's stronger in gender be. blindness. It's yeah. supposed to be, right? The law is supposed to be socioeconomically blind, even though it's often not. That's the whole, yeah. Right. Yes. Constant recourse to individuals in this conversation, I think, is indicative of how very uncomfortable people are thinking about this in terms of group inequality. I, that's, that is my perspective here. Uh, and my perspective is that, uh, and I would consider my perspective to be the perspective of Wendell Phillips, to be the perspective of A. Philip Randolph, uh, to be the perspective of the Luminative Civil Rights Movement, that we need to be not just attentive, we need to be both attentive to uh, system-wide inequality, but also the specific consequences of specific policies meant to immiserate or degrade particular groups of people. It's entirely possible, and we've seen it, to have policies that address everyone, but leave those particular forms of entrenched inequality intact. And I don't think that we want that. I think if we want a colorblind society, we don't want that. Thanks very much, Jamel. And Sano Coleman, you get the final word. Your rebuttal, please tell us again why you are answering no to the question, does colorblindness perpetuate racism? Yeah, so I think, like I said, there's been a very effective PR campaign against the notion of colorblindness, and I've tried to undo that meme for all of you today, partly by quoting, providing quote after quote of some of the great luminaries and activists in many cases, specifically the word colorblind and in other cases, embodying the philosophy. Uh, I've, I've heard no analogous recitation of quotes on the other side. And I think, uh, that that is, that that is telling. Now, I, I also heard no retort to the problem created recently of Asian kids in Queens, you know, having to hide their racial identities. Uh, I mean, I think this is telling as well because no matter how many abstract, you know, academic, uh, redefinitions and concepts one wants to use in the end race-based policy always comes down to looking someone in the face and discriminating against them because of something that they can't control that is not the way to address the legacy of racism it's not the way martin luther king wanted to address the legacy of racism ultimately the way to fight racism cannot be to focus more on the alleged uh, importance of race it's to end race and policy altogether and focus on class. So thank you very much. Bro, thank you, uh, Coleman. And that wraps the arguing portion of the program. So um, Jamel and Coleman, I want to thank you so much for taking part in this debate and in particular for um, the way in which you argued, uh, obviously in good faith, but also with respect for one another. That's what we try to embody here at Open to Debate. It's what we wanted to share with the TED audience as well, and we're delighted to have done that. I also want to thank um, 
the 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 four participants who came in with questions uh candace and robert and thomas and monica thank you you actually took the conversation to more interesting places um that is what we do here at open to debate i want to let you know that uh, for those of you who follow us you know that we are a nonprofit. we put these programs out to the world um um for for, for its edification, but we support, uh, we are supported by people like you. And if you would like to support us, please go to our website I, uh, at opentodebate.org. That's it for this time. Uh, again, thank you to our debaters. I'm John Donvan, and we'll see you next time. There That's it for this episode of Conversations with Coleman, guys. As always, thanks for watching, and feel free to tell me what you think by reviewing the podcast, commenting on social media, or sending me an email. To check out my other social media platforms, click the cards you see on screen. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. See you next time. Coleman Hughes, that's the name of his channel. Subscribe, great channel. Great yeah. content. It's very good conversations. Yeah, totally. Check it out. Yeah, this. I don't know how many views the debate got on the Intelligence Squared channel. I don't. Mm -hmm. I used to be subscribed to that channel. I don't know if it has a new name now, but. It's probably open to debate. Got like four forty-five thousand views on Coleman Hughes' channel, which is good. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. Let's see. The open to debate channel is very small. Well, it's not very small in terms of subs, but it's very small in terms of viewership. It only got four point eight views. Four point eight views. Thousand. Oh, but 4, for that channel, that's giant because the other videos have like a hundred views. <laughs> Oh, wow. So, okay. Interesting. Um, no, they did right before have a debate that had a thousand views, which was should NATO admit Ukraine? So That's an interesting debate. It's interesting to me, these channels that have like, because the channel has almost 200,000 subscribers. Right. Yeah, no. And yet the views are like. It's just like a brand though. YouTube I is guess. so personality driven. It's not really. I guess. I mean, people just maybe they just don't unsubscribe to channels they don't watch anymore or something. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm subscribed to thousands of channels. I don't know about you, but um, no, I try to unsubscribe to stuff I don't watch. Really? Oh. Because I get I get annoyed because I go through my subscriptions. That's good. Very frequently, and so I don't want there to be a bunch of like if I go through my subscriptions and there's like a video from a creator I haven't watched in six months, I'm like, okay, time to time to take Philly D off the sub feed i don't need i don't watch this philly d video in like a year okay you subscribed to F philip defranco I, wow. I did back in the day wow but no longer so. yeah no the it's better to unsubscribe to a channel if you don't watch the videos that's how they that's how they get you these giant channels that nobody watches their videos really hurts them in the algorithm yes like you're almost better just starting a new channel this is why yeah, our are. channel we our channel's we get great engagement on this channel, even though we aren't even 200,000 subs, because most of the people subscribed actually watch our content. So, yeah, at least we have very streams. few people, yeah. very few dead subscribers. It's odd because a, a lot of times people complain, you know, when they upload a video, subscribers are taken away. Obviously, you don't want someone who actually watches your content taken away, but. If they're not watching your content, it kind of helps you. Anyway, do we have a... I guess we have Super Chats. Uh, Britt Cormier for $20 says, let's get to the real question. 
Would Adam rather hear more from Jamel or participate in a debate on the trolley problem for a few hours? <laughs> it was great to see you guys on EFAP. Hmm. Uh, obviously, I'd like to be on EFAP more. So, Well, that wasn't the question. Would you rather listen to Jamel more or participate in a debate on the trolley problem? Uh, on EFAP? Oh. Or just anywhere. No, no trolley problem. Okay, no trolley problem. Uh, Brian I'll Townsend go. for twenty dollars says, "Hello, Sitch. I always knew S class was best class." You've been lied to, <laughs> systematically lied to. But after hearing your strong stance on clones and robots yesterday, I now know that S class is Chad class. S class is Chad class. Hi, Adam. You should have stuck around for the trolley game. Yeah, it was fun. Oh, so uh, Doctor Diller sent me a link to a website that had all these like trolley problems we kind of went through it for like two or three hours sweet so he here's here's one that i'm sure i'm questioning how you'll react to it okay you're you i'm assuming everyone here knows the trolley thing you have a little lever you can change the direction the trolley is going to go a trolley is about to hit five sentient robots okay <laughs> Five sentient robots. But this on the other this track. This is right up my alley. On the other track, there is one human tied to the track. Okay? One human. Okay. Do you divert the track to kill the one human? Or do you allow or the train to, to kill the one human? Or do you allow the train to kill the five sentient robots? Five sentient robots. Yes. Hmm. I guess, yeah, I'm going to have to kill the human, right? Because... The robots are sentient. They're equivalent of human consciousness. This is that how a, you interpret that? This isn't a trick question, right? It's well, not, it's not a trick if, question. What if it's only one robot consciousness inhabiting four robot bodies, though? It's five sentient robots. Independent. Versus one in, human. Look, God acts a human, obviously. Well, what does sentient mean? Sentient means conscious, right? Does it? Is this like a trick question based it's not on a the trick words question. sentient? I don't know. Because I, the way I interpret each of these questions is given the limited information that the question gives me, I'm just standing there and someone just tells me they're sentient. And that's the only mm -hmm. information I can get. I don't know what the fuck that means, right? Because to me, sentient just means you have your responsive to like i can't determine even if you said you had five conscious robots right right With they could limited, have a ant consciousness right yeah yeah exactly like like using that limited information i can't make a determination about the value of that robot's life to a human value like if there were five datas from star trek on the on the train tracks I would protect them. I would say that there, I would say one data is worth the life of one human. Right. But if you just told me five sentient robots and I don't know what that fucking means, well, then I guess those robots are getting destroyed. They're getting blowed up. This says endowed with feeling and unstructured consciousness. That's definition one. Definition two is consciously perceiving. 
Hmm. Right, but as you said, that's a cockroach. <laughs> right, but the, as you said, yeah, an ant ascension, a dog okay. ascension, right? All right, gonna have to save the human. There you go. Look, you got to make your word. Pro- you got to make your <laughs> trolley problem language specific. Well, I think that's part of the the issue. Right. I'm glad you. I'm glad you made me look it up. So. It's like, is Turned it, out they were all super genius robots. Oh well, no! We can build more. Okay. Oh, the other no. question. The other question was: You are tied to the train tracks, Adam. Okay, me. I'm on the train tracks. Yes, but the trolley is not going to hit you. It's barreling towards five of your clones. Are you going to divert the tra- the train to kill you instead of five of your clones, or will you let the train kill the five clones? Five clones are gone. Okay, good. <laughs> that's what I said. I mean, I what said the easy. heck? That's an easy one. Yes. Get out of here, clones. Bye-bye. Can always make some more clones, okay? Who gave you permission to clone me? Well, it doesn't say. Maybe you did it yourself. Right. Get those clones out of here. Get those clones out of here. Right. Uh, Duke Nord for $20 says, I'm now a height advocate. If you're not 6'2", exactly, you now owe me reparations. This is how I see Jamel's solution to racism. S-class! He's S-class! Kind of true, yeah. There you go, I like it. Oh, is that the bear? Yeah. Mark Twain's Revenge, right? Yes, look at that. How you like that? You go out in your front yard... It's a big old bear. I wouldn't be happy about that. You go out to get your kid's tricycle. (laughs) (laughs) And a bear is riding it. (laughs) Now that would be pretty awesome. If I go outside and there's a bear riding a tricycle, I would be less concerned. I'd be more impressed at that point. Mark Twain, is your kid ever in the front yard on that tricycle? I'd I'd be nervous after this. After this photograph. That's pretty crazy, yeah. Yeah, imagine your kid on the tricycle as mm. as Smokey the Bear wanders through. <laughs> Just looking for some pecanuck baskets. Lucy says, I once slapped a black bear's ass thinking it was my dog in the trash. What was the no uh, way? What was the oh. end result of that, Lucy? That's scary. That is scary. Was it a small bear? <laughs> like, it must have been a pretty small bear. You have a big-ass fucking dog. Uh, Blaine's escape quarter for eight months. Thank you so much. It says, as, as the colorblind representative of chat, mild detente. Dutan? I don't know what that word means. Dutan is a colorblindness in the most common form of color vision. Oh, is that the... What is that? Red, green, or yellow, blue? I don't know. That's the uh, actual. That's not the policy color blindness, right? Dutan means you. Yes, Dutan means you can only wait. Uh, if you have Dutanropopia, you don't have working green cone cells. That's why it's called green blindness. Mark Twain's Revenge for $5 says, Yes, my kids came inside screaming, Bear! (laughs) I mean, good for them, right? Uh, At least you have an early 
bear detection system in the house. That's good to know. That's true. Okay, so this says... This says you can only see the colors yellow and blue if you have this. Well, there you go. I didn't know. Blaine's escape quarter can only see shades of yellow and blue. How unfortunate. Yellow and blue. Wow. Yeah. So you can't see uh, red, orange, purple, or green. Sucks. Um, I spent my entire life not racist. Just stop asking me what color is that. There you go. There you go. Lucy said it was a small black bear and it scared the shit out of me. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Okay. Did you ever, uh, this squirrel ever come give you a hug for giving it a tarp? No, it left home. Now I don't see the squirrel at all. Aww. I've been waiting. Ever since I moved the, the kits up to the palm tree, I've never seen it even peek its head out. Is it still in the palm tree? I don't know. Oh, you didn't check? That could have been a staging area to move to some other new location. <laughs> a staging area for the next conflict. Well, no, I just... It took them out of the nest. It built... I caught the squirrel when it built the nest. Yeah. I was out in the backyard, and I noticed it was doing this Mission Impossible-type move yeah. inside the tree. Mm-hmm. It's like, what the fuck are you doing in there? And then I came out, the next day and half the tree was tear torn down and turned into a nest and i figured out what was going on Powerful I, squirrel. yeah i obviously took a picture but i was thinking well how many i've i thought there was three kits in there which you know how big squirrels get i mean this nest is tiny no well they're not big squirrels yeah they're tiny at the right. time you can see the video the videos on twitter but so it after the storm everything was great i took the tarp down and the squirrel the very next day moved all of them took them out one by one ran across the yard with them scurried up the house and put them up in like a opening of the palm fronds in a in our palm tree in our front yard mm -hmm. and i mean i got the spot i I put I filmed part of it. I haven't uploaded it yet, but I was going to add it to the thread. And I've been looking at that spot because supposedly there's four kits in there, right? And a squirrel hanging out. But I haven't seen any activity. Maybe maybe because uh, you when you put the tarp on it, they're like, we've been spotted. <laughs> we have to change location. No, I feel like that. I feel like the there was a move coming anyway because that nest, there's no way that nest was Oh, big you think the nest was just too small? So it was she just had a temporary. four kits. Right. It's a lot of squirrels in that okay. tiny little nest. Maybe. So. Maybe. And they were getting bigger. That's true. The, the real question is did the squirrels give you permission to film them? No, of course well, not. Maybe that's why they wanted their <laughs> privacy. I did see, we have two palm trees in our front yard and. I did see the squirrel shimmy up the palm tree that the, didn't have the kits in it. And I thought, wow, does she have a nest in there? And she just carried them one by one to one palm tree and now is going to move them one by one to this other palm tree. 
I don't know. There you go. Rico Zoro says, here's your trolley problem. On one track, you have five rats. On the other, you have one squirrel. <laughs> Who are you uh, killing? This, look, this f- rats are gone. I hate rats. <laughs> kidding me? I feel like that's like most people. What if I've, they weren't rats? What if they were five mice? Does that change anything? Five mice? Gone. Wow. Okay. Yeah. What if they were five guinea pigs? I mean, I'm a big fan of squirrels. I, I'm the guinea you would pigs kill five guinea pigs to save one squirrel. Such, I have a relationship with a squirrel, okay? I feel... Oh, really? <laughs> you have... Adam, you have a relationship with a squirrel. Is that right? Yeah, fr- we're friends. Oh, okay. That kind of relationship, huh? <laughs> Sitch doesn't... Sitch doesn't believe that you can just be friends with animals. How weird is that? Well, no, wait, I would not describe... <laughs> having a relationship with How a squirrel weird. i would How not use the word i have that? a relate i would have said i'm friends with a squirrel not i have a relationship with a squirrel what do you, is friend friendship isn't a relationship i mean come on, come on sitch all right look do you you don't ha- currently have any pets do you no oh you need to have a really you need to start a relationship i need to start a relationship with a with an animal they do become like members of the family. It's I, just, I'm it's aware. undeniable. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but okay. I didn't say. By the way, the, the squirrel on the track. It's not the squirrel that lives in your house. It's just a random ass fucking squirrel. It is. Yes. Well, could be friends with my friend. <laughs> it's just a random squirrel. Okay. So you would you would save a random squirrel over five guinea pigs? Yes. Five adorable little guinea pigs. Well, are they baby guinea pigs? <laughs> I don't know. Well, okay, listen. I'll send if they're you baby the... guinea pigs, I'll pick the guinea yeah, pigs. Really? But okay, yeah. here, here. I'm gonna send you this video. You tell me you're gonna kill five of these little guys for one squirrel. Okay. Look, this is why people hate the trolley problem right here. Yeah. You could bring up a. I don't know if you can bring the video. But bring up a picture of this fucking adorable little thing. The trolley problem is just a fancy way to say, you're a murderer. (laughs) Adam's going to kill five of these adorable, look at this little fucking guy. Oh, no. Look at this little adorable little guy. I'm going to kill five of them for one squirrel. A squirrel is just a rat with a bushy tail. They got a break from society. Holy cow. Look at that little guy. Okay. (laughs) That little bro. Sorry, squirrel. <laughs> I'm sorry, squirrel. You're bringing that picture up. But these cuties got to live. <laughs> these cutie patooties got to live. Take that, Bowie. You say that there's no such thing as beauty privilege? Motherfucker, people will kill, live, let animals live or die based on how aesthetically pleasing they I mean, I ones. almost said this about the robots. Yes. I was like, uh, I mean, what do these robots look like? Are they hot robots? Exactly. Exactly. Look, it has the intelligence of a cockroach, but it's smoking hot. <laughs> that's disturbing. That the framing that's too disturbing. Okay. Right. Of course it is. Look, that's why I made I made it disturbing on purpose. Okay. I know. That's that's what you do with hypotheticals. Right. Like this. This. 
this thinking, this thought you said, experiment. like the intelligence of an ant, right? Mm-hmm. No, a cockroach. No, it's disgusting. You don't it's like horrific. it? No. Look, look at that little guy, everyone. Yeah. You all have to save that, right? We just He's saved so five cute. of these little guys. Oh my god, it's these adorable. Little adorable guys. Look at them. Mm-hmm. Now, I, right after we're done with this horrible thought experiment. All five of them are going to help me have a service for this squirrel that had to give <laughs> its life. We're going to say our prayers, condolence. We're going to have a 24-hour vigil mm-hmm. for this for for the the squirrel. squirrel. Yeah. Okay. Just to set things right in the universe. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm feeling good now. Spencer Harmon, thanks so much for the 16 months. Says, just got my order for the comic. Well, thank you, Spencer. Yeah, yeah I think thanks. You said that in a different super chat, but thank you. That's uh, awesome. John Benor, thanks so much for the $2. Says, S class is best class. No, I always say your name wrong, but thank you. Uh, the format for 100 DKs says, S. Oh, God. Says S class farts in the elevator and denies it. Confronted by the only other person. While A team holds the door for women, expecting nothing in return. Ah, <laughs> Dr. Diddler. Finally, someone has stepped up. Uh-huh. Thank you. It is true. Look when that's, that's a simp move. What do you mean? To hold the door for a woman and not expect anything in return? That's what simps do. That's what when cocks si- do. When Sitch and I took the elevator at VidCon, I thought I smelled something. <laughs> there was no elevator at VidCon, you liar. <laughs> but Sitch denied it. all one floor. But Sitch denied it. Uh-huh, Don't right. try to wiggle out of it. <laughs> okay. Just because okay. there was no elevator. Mm-hmm. Don't try to deny <laughs> yeah, <okay>. it. Budgetical for five Canadians says, I would always just pull the lever to prove I have free will. Problem solved permanently. There you go. Oh, there yeah. Though I feel like if you always pull the lever, that's, then you don't have free will because you're just always doing one thing, right? Maybe the problem isn't solved. Hmm. It's a good thing. It's a good way to fool them, though. That's true. Uh, Orca for five dollars says, Sam Buckets said that chat GPT said that said the chat GPT diss was racist. <laughs> in the what? debate? In the Republican debate? Sounds oh. like Sam Cedar said Chris, Chris, Chris Christie's... The, yeah. How is it racist? I, I figured out, maybe you figured this out when we had our conversation. The, no. The, the, the comment results were mixed. A lot of people really liked our recap just because they thought it was funny and right. and fun. Yeah. So there were some people, and I did. You know, I watched a bunch of people who you all mean mixed did, in terms of whether they agree with our assessment. No, mixed in terms of the content because oh. I, I'm thinking, look, the election is coming up. Right. Sitch and I are super smart. I would argue smarter than most content Thank creators you. talking That's about true. the election. Yeah. <laughs> Look, let's be let's be clear here. Obviously, we have a lot of friends. Yeah. Anna Kasparian is easily as smart as us on the 
on the election stuff. Very true. Sam Cedar, not so much. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't want certain people. I don't want to throw under the bus. Certain people, I do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Depending upon how much I like them. <laughs> right. Not how biased. They ought to come back on the show. Not biased at all. Yeah. Um, but I the the question is how should Sitch and Adam do our election coverage content? Now I noticed everybody kind of did the same thing and sitch and adam did something completely different what did everyone do so everyone watched the debate together with their audience basically not pausing or saying anything maybe right. a minor which is stealing which a minor interjection here or there i mean look qvc is going to come in here and say it's a completely different experience look oh, okay. i'm here you can watch it while i'm here watching it right <laughs> okay but Sitch and I did not do that. Sitch and I watched the debate intently on our own and took notes and did a recap that kind of turned into a really funny play-by-play -play recap like you might get from some sports announcer basically recapping the game. Right. And, uh, I mean, we it was a lot of fun. Like We just went crazy with all kinds of crazy shit that didn't happen in the debate, but you know, kind of happened metaphorically. And a lot of people were into that. And I just, I looked at other people's coverage, which was standard, watch the debate together and then talk about it for 30 minutes and not really say anything of value, deep, interesting or profound, right? <laughs> because how can you even remember? Like you're not really taking notes because you're live streaming at the same time. And I just, I felt like our coverage just blew the other, other coverage out of the water because of the way that we did it. So, well, and the views were great. Yeah. I mean, the only, the only thing we could, other thing we could do, I guess, is um, if we want to watch it live, which I think we would get more views, but we would pause it. You would just do it like we do a normal video. We just pause it as we're watching it. Yeah, I thought of that, that we could take all of our notes and, well, I guess we wouldn't have to take as extensive notes. Yeah, because we'd be just breaking it down as it happens. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know which way I like better. Well, I don't, the thing is, you couldn't pause it. Why not? Well, I, you couldn't pause it. Well, the way I watched it, I watched well, it on Fox Business. Yeah, right. Fox if it was News. on YouTube. We would have to record it and then replay it and pause it as we Yeah, went. or we'd have to be watching it. Because I was watching it on my computer on Fox. Yeah, but you can't pause, like I just said. Well, we would have to pause it. It'd be annoying. Well, you can't. Have to, you could pause it. I paused it. You just, we'd have to pause it. Like, it, like I'd have to tell you I'm pausing it. And you'd have to pause it on your own. You paused it? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I paused it and didn't didn't work. No, I mean, I did. I paused it. I went back because sometimes they'd say something. I'd be like, wait, what did they say? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I don't think that was a feature in my player. I watched it hmm. on the Fox website. What did I? Okay. Maybe it was a browser thing. Yeah, I watched I it on my phone at one point, and I could pause it, but I couldn't rewind it. So. Oh, see? I couldn't... I. I couldn't pause or rewind or anything. Like I looked for those features and I was like, hmm, I would have to OBS this if we were going to watch it again. But anyway, I thought our coverage was interesting. It seemed like a lot of people in the comments really dug it. 
Okay. The, fir the first bunch of comments were from people who watched it live and said, oh, it would have been way better with the clips. I think it would be better with maybe a few clips, but not, like, there's some areas that are so fucking boring. Right. Yeah. I think, I think the best content, and I don't know that we could do this, because we might have, I mean, maybe if CT was clipping out the best moments and had that ready for us so that we could respond to those best moments. Well, what we should have done was, um, we should have, I think, you didn't think they'd be funny. I think we should have clipped our silly recaps. I think people would have liked that. Right. Okay. So maybe we'll do that for the next time. Assuming we'll something interesting We keep happens. drifting, and I don't know if this is you or CT, but we keep drifting into like, publishing clips that are two weeks old and it's just it's it's just because like it's sometimes a lot of these clips just never get monetized oh so there'll yeah. be like old clips that are monetized right and all the new clips are still not monetized right so that's why that happens my philosophy is that you have to publish clips within from this live stream within you have one week you have till friday to publish clips from like this live stream here there you go ct you have till if friday. they if they don't get up but they make it into the account they immediately become classic clips that we can publish in two months <laughs> when people will go oh yeah i remember this i see yeah mm. so that's why there's a bunch of clips that are actually in the account that are from like now like a year ago six months ago right because those clips never got published yeah yeah that's the philosophy hey, thanks so much. publishing yeah. it like uh two weeks after is the wrong spot i agree yeah i agree but i don't know what to do if it's just there's the new clips are all demonetized and we just have to sit on them right. forever because we might we sucks. might have to actually curb our cursing I don't even know if it's the cursing because the cursing's all censored and all the clips always get monetized Not all the way anyway. Through. Oh. I if, thought I was going to say, I was going to say, we're going to have to curb our cursing. Yeah. Or CAT is going to have to edit out all of the cursing. I see. I'm trying to curb my cursing. Right. Fuck yeah. Me okay. too. There you go. <laughs> Look, sometimes you have to sometimes you're just angry and you I have know. to say it it's the elephant comes out right the elephant curses uh Tidge, thanks so much for the 14 months in the heart though i see in chat you said what the fuck my whole message was replaced by the emoji what was your what was your message Tidge? yeah tell us does watch together work with rumble the debate was on rumble that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if I've ever tried. We can experiment. These the, the thing is, Fox was being totally belligerent about whether or not you could stream the debate. And then they reverse themselves, I guess, 15 minutes before the debate. So a lot of people who didn't necessarily care stream the debate but i just yeah what's what's weird is it's always no one knows until the day uh sometimes right. they care sometimes they don't care no because i know um i saw i mean i know sam cedar they literally just streamed the entire debate 
Yeah. And then I saw a bunch of people it. do that. And you couldn't even understand them because they're talking over other people talking. So it was stupid. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Our um, coverage was amazing. I'm just, I want you to know. That's true. But anyway, yeah, I don't understand how ChatGPT just was racist. I don't understand the, the, the connecting tissue there. Uh, because Barack Obama, he cribbed lines from Barack Obama, and Barack Obama is black, and therefore... No, 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 calling Vivek ChatGPT, how is that racist? Because he's saying you're stealing, you're plagiarizing from someone else. Is and that what that means? I don't yeah. think that's what it, I... Uh, okay, I interpret it to mean something like robotic, like he's like a robot, so... I don't know. Whatever. Don't worry about it. Uh, a team tucks me into bed while S class are the crumbs I shoot out of the cover and save for later. <laughs> okay. Hi, Wormy. Wormy says hi. And what? What is it? The crumbs from under the covers? What? Yes. But they're going to save for later. So, you know, I could take it. Okay. I'm not sure I fully understand what happened there, but. Right. Uh, Patrick Mulligan for $20. Thank you, Patrick. Says, Sitch, when Destiny jokingly owned the sexist position in the 2v1 abortion debate, he disarmed that attack path and was able to redirect the conversation back to the point he was making. What is wrong with this approach? Uh, I'd have to go back and look at that clip. I don't actually remember the conversation. I don't remember him owning the sexist position. I have to go look at it. Well, I mean, sexism I mean, I remember the, is not the conversation. As as You're talking about when he was on the uh, No Jumper podcast, right? No, no jumper. The um, whatever, one of those fucking all women suck podcasts. They have like the background that says the name of the podcast a million fucking times. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you, stream you're talking about, but I don't remember the actual interaction. Did you, you see the drama about Fresh and Fit getting demonetized? I saw that it happened. I didn't watch the clip you sent me where they talked about it. Oh. Was it about they were doing all the super racist stuff? So they got demonetized, obviously. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I saw that they were just on Tim. I saw for some stupid reason Tim Pool was helping them. So I was like, oh, great. Thank you, Tim. Right, yeah. Good job. Idiot. But Abba and Peach did a video. Preach. Abba and Preach yes. did a video where they had the clips. Because I had never seen the clips. I had heard tell of one of them putting on a clan hood with nick fuentes yeah, and i saw that giving the romans no i didn't see it until oh, i watched okay. abba and preach's video right and i thought that wasn't on youtube though so i don't know if that's why they got i don't think that's why they got demonetized but <laughs> listen it's <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's not on youtube they don't care was youtube demonetize based off off-platform behavior they will if it's egregious if you're putting on a kkk hood and throwing up a hitler salute with nick fuentes yeah how can you not think that that you're totally risking your youtube platform i mean i don't disagree with you <laughs> look abba and preach and you should watch that video sitch because abba and preach the the argument that they made it's mostly abba right Abba is the taller one, right? I don't know. Yeah. I know he, what Abba looks like. I don't know what 
the height differences between the two of them. Well, they stand together in the videos. So I, I only, I've only yeah. ever seen Abba talk to Destiny. I don't think I've ever okay. watched their individual I don't content. Think pre- so I don't think Preach I don't has preach ever. Looks like. Look, I don't think Preach has ever talked to Destiny. That's so. what I'm saying. I don't even know what Preach looks like. So Abba makes an argument that YouTube is basically your employer. And if you look at it anywhere, any way else, you're just naive. And you can't do that kind of stuff because your employers, you're making your employer look bad. Right. I mean, he makes a very cogent argument. <laughs> yeah. Uh, listen, first of all, Adam, I don't know why you would say this because obviously brands don't care if their ads on YouTube play after racist and sexist people because no one would ever associate that right. with the brand. Thank you, okay. Nick. You're welcome. Um, someone in the chat said, Destiny said, yes, I'm sexist and proceeds with this point. Okay. So if what happened in the conversation was Destiny, they accused Destiny of being sexist and he said, yes, I'm sexist. And he dismissed it and just kept talking. Why is so, he stealing my thing? You could. Okay. So you have to understand the dynamic, the dynamic of the conversation. So if the dynamic of the conversation is that Destiny is a progressive, right? So he's oh, a left wing yeah. progressive right. talking to some evil right wingers. Right. And the right wingers accuse him of being sexist and he just says I am and continues talking. That's that's fine. <laughs> because the perception will be from the left, oh, those right wingers don't actually think he's sexist. They don't actually care about sexism. They're just trying to do some kind of gotcha and Destiny's just dismissing it. If if you are debating someone on the left and they throw you the sexist or the racist and you just accept it, and I mean obviously it can depend on the, the circumstances, right? Like you could just say, yeah, sure, whatever, and just move on, right? It'd be different than just saying, like, yes, I'm sexist. Like, um, kind of the way that you did, Adam, or the way that um some other people do when they have these conversations, that's dumb. Right. You were okay. very offended when I did it. But obviously yes. the 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 prohibition on sexism is a lot different than racism. Yeah, obviously. If you if you even if you did it, I still think it wouldn't be great, but if you did it just to dismiss it, it's like, yeah, sure, I'm sexist, and then just immediately move on to something else. That's very different than the right. way that I was you know, talking about. So, Right. Okay. I mean, I do, I feel like I'm a little teeny bit sexist, so I do feel like it. Okay, look at this sexist. Well, I just, I, look, I... I yeah. perceive of sexism yeah. as uh-huh. in, in this day and age, uh-huh. it, it's acknowledging yeah. biological sex differences, uh, which I don't think wow. many people are look at able this to do. Bigot. Look, Doctor, you, do you? I'm not look, Do you acknowledge that biological sex differences exist? Yeah, but these are averages. You shouldn't assume these things before you interact with someone. There are plenty of situations where there are not averages. The the distributions don't even overlap. Such as strength, upper okay, body talking, strength. Okay, first of all, the distributions do overlap on body strength. So I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Secondly, no, they don't. Yes, they do. Secondly, no, they don't. Obviously, there's women that are stronger than men. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> okay, maybe you're right. Yeah, you think you think if you like went up against some they female over, bodybuilder, over, you're gonna like beat her in arm wrestling? I don't know how to break this to you, but you're not. They overlap at the very tails, though. It's like hey, look at this guy, non-existent. Okay. So if anyways, you t- if you take out the tails of the distribution, they do not overlap. Okay. Okay. Generally in terms of behavior and personality that we're talking about, there's always going to be some level of overlap. If you take out the extremes of the distribution, they do not overlap. 
Okay, this is dumb. Sticking anyway. <laughs> okay. Anyway. I stand firm. <laughs> this is retarded. Sitch is a sexist. How is how is Mr. I'm so triggered by stereotypes over here like, listen, stereotypes are fine against women. It's not a stereotype if it's reality. My whole point Listen is- to this fucking... Oh, my God. What am I dealing with? What am I... Chat, help me here. <laughs> Look. This is retarded. I don't like stereotypes because they throw people inadvertently under the bus but if those people are already under the bus <laughs> <laughs> terrible oh my god anyways <laughs> dr diddler for five dollars s class general perfect timing says a team sets records for least insight added on efap and signs himself up to little league baseball to ruin some kids dream s class is the best class dr diller sent me a message yesterday asking me <laughs> yeah asking me to speak up more on efap is that why I you got really loud all of a sudden and i didn't see the message until after i left that's funny you like you got like really loud all of a sudden. I assume you like turned your volume way up or something. Because Discord messes with your fucking mic. Oh, so if okay. I don't say anything, as soon as I come in, Discord, cr- like I'm not saying anything, and Discord cranks my mic up to a, a hundred. Right. And then as soon as I speak, it's like, oh shit! Look, he's talking. Dial it down to thirty-five where it was before. Why'd you dial it up to a hundred? You fucking dipshit. There you go. Look, this is why I hate Discord. It completely fucks over my mic setting. Stuck for two hours says, what is a racist woman? A racist woman is a woman who is is prejudiced based on race. Yeah, I don't remember the context of that stuff. Uh, William Vance, thank you so much for being 14-month discipline equals freedom. Says, most leaders of the civil rights movement change into power and revenge moments after they get the big wins. See modern feminism, civil rights, boxing with shadows continue being paid. Well, I think, yeah, it's interesting because it, it it doesn't seem like it's not it's not like the same people. It's like the next generation, right? Also wants to like find purpose and meaning through struggle, and so they kind of envision that they're in the same place that they were. And since that's obviously not true, they have to create more complicated justifications to explain why things are just as bad and why whatever the previous generation did didn't work. Which is kind of exactly what Derek, literally what Derek Bell did. So. This is why every society should avoid an activist class because yes. once your identity becomes wrapped up in some kind of activism and that problem is solved, you have an identity crisis. Right. So you should approach activism from, you know, become a doctor or an attorney or a comic book artist or a live streamer, whatever your vocation is. And you adopt activism as problems need to be solved. Right. So it's not becoming a, look, my identity isn't wrapped up in, I'm Greta Thunberg, the climate change activist, right? And then as soon as that problem is solved, your identity is completely crushed. Yeah, where would you do then? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Stug said, oh, it's a combination of the question, what is a woman and what is a racist? What is a racist woman? I like it. Oh yeah, we'll have to we'll have to ask Matt Walsh this. Right, we should ask Matt Walsh that. 
uh, Ag Lahir for nine months. Thanks so much. Says, hey guys, I just noticed I've been a member for nine months and watching for much longer, but haven't been subscribed. Anyways, that's rectified now. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank thanks you. for being a subscriber. Yeah, I think a lot of people that watch us, they just, if we come up on the feed every Sunday and Tuesday and they just watch. They're not actually subscribed. So. Get yeah. the sub. Hmm. Lord Cameron for five months. Thanks so much. With Says, the crab emoji. Crab, 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 crab. Very crab. crabby of you, yes. Love it. Uh, Dog Eater for $2 says, Sitch to Israel. Make Aliyah. It's your birthright. What is Aliyah? I don't know. Aliyah. Supposedly your birthright. Probably something. Aliyah in Hebrew means ascent or going up. The Jewish. Aliyah is the immigration of Jews from the diaspora. This do you have? Do you have to go to Israel once? You've already been to Israel. I've been so. to Israel once. Yeah. Yes. So you got that taken care of. I got that taken care. of. I've been to Israel. It was an interesting trip. I enjoyed it. But have went, you been to went with my temple with a bunch of Jews? Look, I I think playing craps with your buddies is a rite of passage. That's true. <laughs> I didn't go on birthright though. I did not go on a birthright. Oh. that's when you go on your birthday no birthright is a program where i don't know what age you are it's if you're jewish and of a certain age there's some organization where you can go with a bunch of kids your age to israel mm -hmm. so which i never i mean i was never really that interested the only reason i went with my temple is because my family was like let's go to israel i was like i don't really want to and they're like please i was like oh, fine <laughs> Your family begged you to go to Israel with them? Essentially, yeah. I didn't really give a shit. But I mean, I'm glad I, in retrospect, I'm glad I went. It was interesting. Right. I'm, I'm glad I went there. Though, of course, the best part of going to Israel had nothing to do with anything religious. Was it the food? Actually, you know, it was funny. The best food I had in Israel was at some random ass stand, like a cart. And this guy... He literally, what do you do? Is he, he, you'd order the food, and it was just a, it was just a, a pita bread that was open, and he would put chicken in it, and then he put hummus in it, and then he put French fries in it all together. Wow! And you just eat it as like Sounds a delicious as a sandwich kind of pita thing, and it was like, oh, like this is fucking amazing! Holy shit! But um, no, the best thing was the Red Sea. The Red Sea, because you got to float. Yes, it's the so cool. The and the Red Sea. Yes, it's a, it's so weird because this the salt density is so high. Right, you it's like, so bizarre because you like you have to like literally push yourself down to not float. It's a like it's such a bizarre sensation, and you, you won't experience it anywhere else unless you've been in some kind of like weird. I don't even know what else would would produce that sensation, but it's super cool. I wish I could stay there longer, but obviously you can't just sit in the water because it's so salty. Your skin like dries out. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. You don't Sucks the water out of you. Yeah, you don't want to be in there for too long. But it was this very cool experience to kind of like just be in this really floaty water. Sounds awesome. The Dead Sea, not the Red Sea, whatever. The Dead Red Sea. It was the Dead. You're right. It was the Dead Sea. Okay. PC for $2 says. Hi, Adam. Hi. Hello. 
Got to get my rags impersonation down. There you go. Look at you can't just you can't just ski, steal rags as hello. <laughs> okay, you're not allowed to do that. It's a it's a homage. Hmm. Um. Max Lass for five dollars says neo-Marxist deconstruction and postmodernism with blinders on. They have a universal asset they use on all their enemies, but shield from themselves. True. Very true. Yes. Uh, Lucifer, Lucifer the Dolman for two Canadian says AD reigns supreme. That's in all caps, Sitch. Supposed to scream it at the top of your lungs. Let's test that mic out. Make sure it's not clipping. We're waiting. Can you hear that when I do that? We're waiting. Is, is Zoom cutting that out? I can't tell. What are you screaming? No, I'm going making a little popping sound. Well, I heard that. that pop. Yeah, that one I heard. Just scream it. Scream it like your life depends on it. Pretend you've been abducted by a serial killer and you're in his lair, buried deep within the earth. And the only way I will rescue you is if you yell, A Team Reign Supreme. Listen, we have a, we have a trolley <laughs> problem. Okay, on one track is me saying A Team Reigns Supreme. Right. On the other track, actually, this doesn't work. I don't even know is where it, I'm going. Is it is a beautiful sentient robot? I'm killing the A Team Reigns Supreme every time. Okay, oh, really? the version of me that says it. So a hundred sexy sentient robots. Right. Are on the other track so patrick you sent me the clip from the destiny conversation it's just and i just looked at it it's just exactly what i said it's because of the dynamic of him being on the left and the people being on the right so right yeah so the assumption is that he doesn't mean it okay sammy g look at that Brigadier General of Arts and Degeneracy, Sammy G for $5. Says, if it makes you feel better, Adam, I'll fix the power imbalance of A-Team in the Dojin. Uh-oh. Nice. Yeah, uh -oh. please do, Sammy. Thank you. Please don't do that. Thank you for thinking of us. Don't do that. Stop it. Stop it. I'm considering dual citizenship for you, Sammy. <laughs> Look at this. Traitor. Uh, Naxalus for five. Oh, I read that one. <clears throat> this Redoma for two Canadians says, get Devin Tracy on. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, my goodness. Look, uh, Lucifer the Doberman, you were on the outs with Devin Tracy. What happened with yeah, that? Yeah, are you back in? God, you were like brutal with him. Jesus. You were a patron of his for, I think, like 20 years or something, and he completely threw you under the bus and blocked you, called you a Sitch and Adam simp. What happened there? You yeah, let happened? that slide? What happened? That can't be good. That can't make mm -hmm. you feel good. Now, Lucifer said some very mean things to him. <laughs> to Devin. So. To Devin. I know. It was awesome. I saw him on Twitter. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Jay, for 13 months, things Jay says, Americans aren't just reporting racism at an increasing rate. Uh, blacks born post the 90s report more discrimination than people that grew up under Jim Crow. <laughs> Is this fucking true? <laughs> Holy shit. 
that can't be the it's case. hilarious if that's true i gotta check that out that's insane well i mean are they going to the mall and not being able to find a parking spot and going racism right yeah i don't know are there so many are they just little injustices in life they're like oh i had to wait in line racism yeah i don't know i mean i think that's true like people who like live through actual overt racism and then they and then there's no overt racism they're probably like this is so nice <laughs> oh, of course yeah and the people that didn't and they think everything's racist are like ah oh, everything's racist and they're like what are you talking about uh, death by sloth for 17 months thank you so much 17 months death by sloth says i flirted with socialism because i had a good upbringing and a strong fairness moral foundation and it isn't fair i had plenty while others didn't yeah i think that's definitely i think that's definitely the number one factor 100 percent. i think that's what it is right that'd be my guess that causes people to do that little flirtation yeah or to become socialist yeah right because that's I, yeah that's what's motivating people my experience was i always heard people talk about marxism in derogatory terms mm -hmm. and it made me think maybe i would like this because <laughs> you're like the you're the, such a contrarian totally yeah. well i'm a rebel obviously so i always was like hmm i would like to understand that marxism more yeah but they if, look when i grew up we didn't have this thing called the internet that you could just pull a phone out of your pocket and do a search you know, you're on the couch checking your twitter and just oh i'm interested in marxism let me look see what i can find you'd have to go to the library you'd have to read some boring books you couldn't get someone's just translation oh this is marxism you have to take a class on it in university mm -hmm. there are all these barriers i was like I'm interested in that, but you know, I think I'd like to hang out with my girlfriend tonight. <laughs> <laughs> right? So it's just mm -hmm. a completely different dynamic. Now you just have all that stuff at your fingertips. It's it's great. It's amazing. Right. Yeah, you can learn about all this stuff. You can think, oh, maybe I am into, oh no, maybe I'm not into Marxism. Who's this frat boy chode? He seems to like it. <laughs> What's this? What's going on here? What's this all about? Mm -hmm. Look at this Nimrod. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I found this. I was trying to find the, the the poll. I couldn't find it exactly, but I did find a poll that said perceptions of progress for Black Americans uh, after civil rights. And the poll starts in 1995, and it says so. 83% of people in 1995 said. Or a combination of greatly or somewhat improved for race for, for relations or i'm sorry for progress for black americans okay mm -hmm. in 1995 it starts at 83 percent for improvement all up until 2011 it just goes up this continually slopes up to 89 percent. okay nice 20 2013 almost 90 percent right 2013 it first drops to 87 percent. it goes down to what what year 2013 2013 and then all the way from 2013 to 2020 it just goes down it drops down to 59 percent. so you can see it's like the it's like all about racism so i am just going off intuition here but so 
I don't. What happened in 2013? When? What? When that was, was the woke stuff started happening? Okay, that's what happened. That's when my woke intuition. My intuition was Trayvon Martin. I feel oh, like maybe. that was the that first. That could be too. Too. Yeah, that could be true too. The first situation that really was race catalyzed. Well, I guess there was like Rodney King, obviously, but. Mm-hmm. We're searching for an event that took place around 2013. I guess tr- the George Zimmerman Trayvon Martin thing was February 26, 2012. Well, it's interesting. So when they break it down by racial category specifically, so for Black Americans, 1995 it starts at 76 percent, believing there's been an improvement. Then, interestingly, for some reason, it it, it slopes down all up until 2003. I don't know why. It's just sloping down to and then slopes down to seventy one percent. Send me a screenshot of this. So okay, I can bring it up. Oh, yeah, that's kind of interesting. I don't know what caused this. I want to see it specifically. The audience wants to see it. We want to understand it. No, fuck. We want to see the reality. You have to take of the my situation. word for it. Okay. We want to feel it in our bones. Really? Yeah. Look. Yeah. I want to feel it in our American bones and our non-American bones, since a lot of people outside America listen to the show. Mm-hmm. I want to understand it, right? Were we supposed to talk? Let me see if I have my notes. Oh, I didn't. I didn't talk about that. Maybe I'll save it. What? I still have on my list to. I want to talk to you more about masculine storytelling, but now is not the time. Masculine storytelling? Oh my fucking god! And I no, um, whether or not storytelling is. I understand. Innate. I'm just, yeah. I'm just fucking with you. We'll uh, save that for another we'll save time. That for another time. I have a a list of things that I want to talk about as to make videos. So. Okay. Mm. It, you bring up the chart i'll bring it up hell yeah <clears throat> this chart looks amazing you got charts and graphs and graphics very important business this is all about the racism right that's what we're looking at here no oo-woos tonight please <laughs> that wasn't an oo that was an oo you're just doing an oo you're like a I little feel, pigeon. I feel sad. <laughs> no one can do it. There you go. Perceptions of improvements in civil rights for black Americans by race and ethnicity. An ethnic group, rather. Yes. Question is, thinking back, back o- okay, go ahead. over your lifetime, how do you feel civil rights for black adults have changed in this country? Would you say the situation has greatly improved, somewhat improved, stayed pretty much the same, somewhat worsened, or greatly worsened? Okay, right. The so, ch- chart starts off at 1995. So these are all, these are only people that responded as greatly or somewhat improved. Right. The green line is black adults, the blue line is white adults, and the dotted line is Hispanic adults. Right. Okay. So it's very interesting. So, so with black adults, you see, starts at 76 and it slopes down to 71. I don't know why. What's going on from 1995 to 2003? What's, what's going on there? 
Yeah, who's president then? This is George W. Bush, right? And Iraq. Yeah, but George W. Bush was still president. Well, no, oh, it was right. Clinton and Bush. Yeah, Iraq. Two thousand was when Bush got elected, and Iraq right. took place in two thousand four. So that's all after Who, this. Yeah, but that's, yeah. So I don't. I don't know what's going on. This is all like Bill Clinton mostly. Monica Lewinsky. I thought Bill Clinton was supposed to be the first black president. Right. Well, this is probably this. I mean, didn't this happen with Obama? I guess we're going to look at Obama here. Everyone, everyone made Clinton president, and then he didn't do anything for the black community. So right. So anyway, well, the black goes up though. Yeah, but why in two thousand three, for some reason, some magic happens? Started. I don't know what changed. Things started going all the way up, all the way up, all the way up, until twenty eleven. They reached their zenith at 85. Right. And then after that, Obama's president, it starts to drop, 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 and he just crashes during all the, as wokeness ramps up, it just gets worse and worse and worse. It does, yeah. Though it does recover slightly at the end. But its zenith is at 2011. Yeah. Well, right between 2011 and 2013 is that Trayvon Martin thing, which was yeah. all anyone was talking about. But it's interesting because if you look at the slope, it goes down. But then you see after 2015, it's like that's when the real drop occurred. <laughs> like the slope is much steeper at that point. Right. So to me, I don't know, when you look at this graph, it just really shows you how wokeness makes everyone miserable. Yeah. So it's declining for blacks and whites in lockstep too. Yeah, it's all it's, that's what's interesting too. Everyone hates it. Even at even if it's different rates, it's still following the same pattern. Right. So Okay. Sucks. You know what I think would make this chart better? What? A blunt. Oh my God, that's racist! You need to stop. <laughs> it's not a blunt; it's a joint. Okay. Christian Baller for five dollars says Adam also needs to watch Chainsaw Man. He will really relate to the main character. I might watch an episode of Mob Psycho tonight. You should. Yeah. Sounds great. Season one. How many seasons do I have to watch? There's only two, I think, so far. Oh, I don't know season well, three ever good. came out yet. I did, I never saw it. It's not long. Uh, Christian Baller for $5 says, Adam, I go to Bath and Body Works all the time. I use two different body creams a day on my face slash body every day. My hormone, my quote, hormone secret. Nice. It's the Axe body spray? Or is that just (laughs) all hype? Uh Uh-huh. Look, you don't use Axe body spray. Season three is out and I missed it. I never watched it. Look at that. There you go. I gotta catch up. Season four's gotta be the last one then, because comics already over, so mm. it's all completed, three seasons. Oh, is is season three the end? Is there no season four? They get to the end in season three. I'll have to check it out. Sello for five dollars says quote. Free your mind and the rest will follow. Be colorblind and don't be so shallow. En Vogue, 1992. Based. I like it. I like it. That was a song from En Vogue? 
apparently. Wow. Um, Harold Hay for 12 months. Thanks so much, Harold Hay. Says, despite the Nigerian CBN regulating the banks out of making YouTube payments, I've managed to become a member for a year thanks to JMAC. What's well, great? Interesting. Nice. I have no, no fucking clue what's going on in Nigeria with the the uh, regulation of YouTube payments. Uh, Joshua, sorry for ten dollars. Says Jamel and I were good friends all through high school. We debated politics so much, everyone thought we hate each other. It's a shame to see his takes have gotten worse over the years. Wait, really? Wow. You're not memeing us, Joshua? That's very interesting. Wow. That's fascinating. Listen, Joshua. You guys should come debate on our show again. Okay. It'll be like the Yeah, reach out to him. See if you can get him on our show. Yeah. We'd like to talk to him. You guys should debate. That'd be very interesting. Maybe I'll reach out to him. Share this super chat here. Did you know this guy? <laughs> yeah. Look, I just want to know his position. Thoughts Apprentice for five hours says, I had a dream the other night that Adam was hunting me down for promoting negative stereotypes. I need to lay off the A-team. Sitch, play the game. Yeah, I know. I keep forgetting. I had a dream the other night Adam was hunting me down for promoting negative stereotypes? Yes. Good. That means my... That means my... My regimen is working. You're already curbing your own. Except you're fine with it for, for sexism, so you don't care. No, it's not. It's, You've ruined your stereotype cred. Sexism doesn't doesn't create negative stereotypes. Yes. It, what the fuck are you talking? Oh my god. The negative stereotypes. Yeah. That are being created about women. Yes. Are that women. Stand a work. chance competing against men in certain sports. Is that they shouldn't work. They should be at home making babies. No, that's not. The negative stereotype. That is the negative stereotype. What are you talking about? No, it's yes. not. Do you not listen to just pearly things? Look, you're memeing, but... Women you, shouldn't vote, she says. Did you see the the interview with John McEnroe? where all of the lady reporters were talking about how men and women could compete in tennis and John McEnroe was like laughing in their faces. Yeah, that's retarded. And we're not to, obviously that's retarded. Okay. Well, they have a stereotype that is inaccurate. <laughs> the stereotype is women can play tennis as well as men. Well, that's not a stereotype. The stereotype would be women can't play tennis as well as men. No, the stereotype is that women can play tennis as, as well as men, even though that's completely false. That's not a stereotype. What the fuck? Do, what is this? It's not what a stereotype is. What are you talking about? The stereotype is men and women are identical to one another. No, no, stop. That is a, that is a, just a wrong belief. Okay. A stereotype is specifically when you have a widely held belief that's about a specific group. Women. Right. It's not yes, a stereotype, the, usually the a widely, negative stereotype. The so widely a, held belief is that women are equally strong as men. That's not a stereotype. How is it not? I, it's just, okay, I, this is, it's the stereotype is that women are all weak. 
women are all weaker than men, which you literally no, that, said in this that conversation. Is, look, that is the old stereotype, which has been replaced by oh, the sorry. stereotype. Oh, I that, see. I understand. You're saying there's a new stereotype now. Yes. Okay. That's not. Exactly. I don't think that's. I don't want to agree. I don't agree with that. But I think it's just. A, I wouldn't call it a stereotype. Okay. Well. I don't know what you. What I just you, don't understand why you're taking this. If a person, if a person has a belief that women are as strong as men, and many people do, I don't. What do you call it then? That's just, I guess, a, just a belief. And stereotypes change over time. Yeah, of course. Yeah, they do often. I agree. I don't. I don't agree with you. I would not call the women can do anything. I wouldn't call that a stereotype. Okay. So. Um. Part of the stereotype of women is that they are strong. That's fine. I'm going to Minecraft myself. Landed <laughs> for eight months. Says liberals must reclaim the mantle of anti-wokeness from these illiberal conservatives like Matt Walsh, Kirk, and Knowles who are dominating the conversation. I agree completely. They can't call themselves liberals, though, because... Well, they're not, specifically. Conservatives must reclaim the mantle of anti-wokeness from illiberal conservatives like... Walsh, Kirk, right. and Knowles. Yeah. Well, most conservatives still believe in liberalism. Knowles at least doesn't specifically. Right. Yeah. I don't I would assume Walsh and, and Kirk don't either, but they're more guarded about it. I know what you mean. Right. It is ironic that you have so many conservatives talking about individual rights and individual freedom and don't make me wear your mask and yet at the same time, if you asked them about liberals, they'd be, oh, liberals, fuck those liberals. Oh, my God. Liberals are what's destroying the country. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. Uh, Fudge Nicole, thanks so much for joining the Free Will Seekers. Yeah, thanks. Welcome. Just be 1005 thanks so much for joining Discipline Equals Freedom. Thank Sweet. You. That's a nice tier. Uh, RJ thanks for your Mc support. Yeah, thank you. RJ McDougalheim for three months. Says, three months. Love you guys. As a bald man, I demand equal representation here. So tired of you all, all you Harry's putting us down. Hire me or your boldest. Well, there you go. I love it. What do you mean my avatar doesn't have, well, actually my avatar does have hair, but you can't really tell. You made him bald in the comic, so. That's true. It was easier to draw. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Hendrik Jan, thanks so much for the four months, says S-Class is the best class. Yeah. But a team, <laughs> they reign supreme. Yep. Uh, Gene the Ringer for five hours says Randy Newman once sang, "Short people." Oh, I remember this. No reason to lose. They got little hands and little eyes, and they walk around telling great big lies. Wow. Short people got no reason to live. I guess my best Randy Newman. I can't really do his very bizarre voice. I remember when that song came out. That's a great song. That song is awesome. Right. You got a friend of me. You got a friend of me. Is that how it sounds out? Is that like this? If women are on average shorter Adam's than men. I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about. If, if women are on, you've never seen Toy me. Story. Yeah, I've seen okay. Toy Story. What, what about Toy Story? Don't forget it. 
Is do they do a play on short people got no reason? Short people got no reason to live in Toy Story. I don't remember that. <laughs> you don't remember the part in Toy Story where um because don't you remember Woody is taller than Buzz? How do you not remember this? You know how like Buzz is, is short? Oh yeah, he, yeah, yeah. And Woody does like a whole rendition about how Woody about how Buzz shouldn't live because he's too short. I don't remember that. You don't no. remember this? Oh, okay. Uh-uh. But they don't use a short people song, do they? They do, yeah. Oh, okay. Look, it's been a lot. Toy Story came out 50, 20 years ago, 25 mm-hmm. years ago. How long ago did Toy Story? That's a long, it's an old movie, yeah. Kind of crazy that that's an old movie now. That's true. It's a jungle out there. That's right. If you ever watch Monk. Toy Story. Let's see here. Toy Story 1995. Oh, yeah. True. Wow. Yep. Wow. That was before I moved to LA. Mm-hmm. Crazy. A good movie. <sighs> yeah. Ancient history. I don't want to play with you anymore. That's almost 30 years ago. Jesus Christ. And you and you want me to remember yeah. the fucking song in that movie. Everyone remembers the song in Toy Story, okay? Well, your parents probably sat you in front of the TV to watch Toy Story 35 times. No, I've only I seen saw it Toy Story a handful once of times. Mo- so. I saw it once in the movie theater and never thought about it again. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just made everything up, by the way. I just want you to know that I gaslit the fuck out of you. Oh, did you really? Yes. I knew there wasn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. You were like, it's not my fault I remember this. <laughs> it was so long ago. You were 100% gaslit. You were 100% gaslit. Why, why would you do that? <laughs> Look, you totally threw your credibility. You flushed your credibility down the toilet now. Everyone in chat knew I was fucking with you. They're like, what? You mean if I could have just read the chat, I would have? Yes. Oh, okay. You Got a Friend in Me was the song. was a Randy Newman song from Toy Story. That was very famous. Yeah, I do remember that. You got a friend in me. That makes more sense. I can't imagine. You got a friend in me. I can't imagine Woody running around going, short people got no reason. No reason to leave. That's right. Woody Allen was running around. Not Woody Allen. Tim Allen was running around. Wait, not Tim Allen. Tom Hanks. Tim Allen was Buzz Lightyear. Tom Hanks was running around saying, yeah, what are you doing? That's true. Actually, I was just super gaslighting you. I don't know if you know this. The movie Toy Story doesn't actually exist. I just made it up. I just looked it up. 1995. (laughs) What are you talking about? Shit. <laughs> I put it in your computer. It's all a ruse. It worked. Okay. That's that'd actually be really funny if I could like put like fake movie if I could sneak fake old movies onto IMDB mm-hmm. and just like have conversations with people to see if they'll like go along with it. <laughs> gaslight them and gaslight them and thinking that they saw this movie. I've seen Destiny do that in a debate where he makes shit up and the person agrees with him and then he's like, I just made that up. Wow. 
But I never really agreed. I mean, I just was like, okay, well, if you say so. But it wasn't, I wasn't going, oh, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't remember That's that. That's good. Yeah. Hendrick Jam for four months says, S-Class is the best class. Thank you. Hypothetically. Randy Newman also has a really good Faust album, which I've talked about several times on the stream. If you like Randy Newman, check out Randy Newman Faust. He plays the devil. It's great. Contrast for five walls. He says, I didn't know Adam was in a Sydney Lebanese gang. Wow. What does that is this, mean? Is this true? You're in a Lebanese gang in Sydney? No. I feel like you are. I feel like that is true. Maybe it's Lebanese gangs do cheating on on blackjack maybe that's the reference oh you mean or uh, yeah i'm assuming that was a reference right yeah gotcha to create context what you are says where's the doom squad at well is that they is, were in chat earlier but right was doom squad for doomer doom got or mad when we did doom the, squad for Doom got I, mad when I killed him in the trolley problem. I see. What a, what a bitch. It's too bad that Dev took D-bags, because that would have been perfect for Doomer. Oh, yeah. Damn it, Dev. De we should change it. Dev should be the degenerates. That seems more appropriate, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, Dev's nice, but he's a degenerate. So, okay, we're changing officially. We're officially changing it, everyone. Okay, the short, fat Otaku gang is now the D-gens. Does, it doesn't he have a certain name on his channel, though. Doesn't matter what channel. This isn't our channel, right? Okay. Dev Dev is officially the Dgens on this channel. That way, the Doom Squad can now be renamed correctly to the D Bags. Nice. So there you go. Doomer has the official ranking of the D Bags. I like it. Change Dev to T Bags. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> the D-Riders, that's pretty funny. Dev's team name should be the Short Chasers. That's pretty good. Short Chasers. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, we might have to go with that. Short Chasers is pretty good. I'll never remember it because it's not an alliteration, but Short Chasers is pretty good. We'll say Short Chasers or the D-Gens. There you go. Got the D-Bags for Doomer. Uh, the Create Context for $5 says, what do you all think of the Create Context speech from Metal Gear Solid 2? Is there any truth to it? Sent to Adam's DM. I don't know. Do you know this speech? Did he send it to you? He says he did. <laughs> I don't know if I got it. <sighs> really? He, I mean, sent, he said just... he did? The thing that I just read, he said he did. We could just look it up. I did look it up. It's super long. Okay. Give me um, the cliff notes. I don't I can't read it that fast. Okay. Okay. It's a 12 minute fucking conversation. Well, we'll get back to you on it. We'll get back to you. I don't know. Cause I've never played Metal Gear Solid 2. So I, ha I think I have played Metal Gear Solid. I, I don't know if I played Metal Gear Solid or Metal Gear Solid. I played the Solid demo. 2. That was the first level. This is a, First person shooter, right? No. It's a third person. Dun 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 dun. 
I don't dun, distinguish. Dun, 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 dun. Snake. It's not first person. I don't distinguish between first and third person. Okay. You're your person blind? Why your perspective the, blind? The difference is so tiny. It's kind of a yeah, one of them you're first person. One of them you're fucking God floating above them. Yeah, there's very little difference. Yeah, that's why. Look, yeah, okay. You, just, you press one button and it toggles between the two. Well, I mean, there are games like that, sure, but most games play are not th- like that. Do you play in third person or do you play in, in first person? What game? Most games you cannot toggle between first and third person. You can in Warhawk. You totally okay. Can. I've never played Warhawk. This one, okay. the one game you can do this is is Warhawk a, a shooty, you shooty can bang do, bang game? Can you do it in Half Life? Maybe you can't do it. No, in you cannot. Okay, you are first person locked in. Right, you got the arm sticking out in front of you. Yeah. How about you how about Unreal Unreal Tournament? First person. Okay, maybe you're right. Yeah. You're not gaslighting me, are you? I don't trust anything you're saying now. <laughs> That was the Pizza Hut demo of Zero Flux. Holy shit, I can't believe you even remember that. I Jesus. definitely have It was the Pizza Hut demo. Fuck, you just unlocked a core memory. Pizza Hut used to give you these PlayStation demo discs that had like a bunch of just different demos on it. It had like Spyro, uh, Crash Bandicoot Racing, had a bunch of them. And since my parents never bought me any video games, I just played like all these demos like to death. Oh, that sucks. Yep. Your parents were so cruel to you. They were. They were, listen. You guys talk about like slavery and oppression. I had real oppression. Okay, my parents. Right. He only got the Pizza Hut demo, man. I only. I literally would play demos like a lot because that was all I had. Ah, uh, tangible oppression. Because listen, I was oppressed. Okay, I was oppressed by my parents. They wouldn't buy me video games. All Sad. of this, all that time, I was out driving around in my convertible with my girlfriend. Okay, but I was like 10, all <laughs> <laughs> right? My parents would not buy me GTA. They refused. Oh, my God. Yep. Look, when GTA came out, I was like, listen, I got to chill on the driving around with my yeah, girlfriend. You're like, listen, girl, I got to play this video game. Fucking up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Even I knew GTA was something to pay attention mm-hmm. to. Yeah. There was, um, they would occasionally, if I, if I complained hard enough, they would let me rent games from Blockbuster. So, oh, wow. Okay. I did rent games. I was able to rent it. And then you'd go home and you'd play that game sun up till sundown. That's why they didn't buy me games because I played so much. They're like, Fuck. right. Yeah. He's in his room. How long is when's that game go back? It goes back tonight, I promise. Exactly. Let, look, me and one TF, uh, what the fuck, one A one A for five dollars. My exact experience: Pizza Hut demos and Blockbuster rentals. The only games you could get. True. That was it. That was literally it. Look, I was a rich adult. I would just go out and buy like four or five games. Yeah. Okay. Some Jesus. of them I wouldn't even play. Yeah. Well, look I'd at this be guy. Like, oh, look As at you're this. like, I'm. So Standing on a mountain of games. <laughs> I'm like, can I please spare some games? <laughs> I think I had I think I had Metal drop? Gear Solid and I didn't even play the thing. I'm like, this, this game drip? sucks. It's funny because it was like um because I kind of listened before I joined EFAP, there's a video that was kind of talking about like whether people would finish games or not. I like fin- of course I finished every fucking game I ever had when I was a kid. Cause I had such I didn't have an like if I didn't finish a game, I was nothing to do. <laughs> 
Of course I finished. I finished them all like several times because I didn't. My parents wouldn't get me a game, so I finished it. Now it's time to finish it again. <laughs> yeah, essentially, essentially. Yeah. I mean, they. I had now to be now. I did have st- the couple games I did have were great. I had Final Fantasy VII. I had Legends of Dragoon, which I played the fuck to death. Jesus, I feel like I should go play that game now. The nostalgia, it's weird. The nostalgia for Legend of Dragoon hits me so hard. So much harder than Final Fantasy VII. I don't know why. But I have damn. nostalgia for like one game. What's that? Carmageddon 2. Oh, there you go. Carpocalypse Now. Yep. <laughs> what was your game? I want to look it up. What was Legend of Dragoon. Legend of Dragoon. It was, um, Lavitz! It, the, the, it was a really good game. The voice acting was so bad that me and my friends would always like make fun of it constantly. I mean, the this voice acting looks was so awful. Pretty fucking corny. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. It's a PlayStation One game. Of course, it's corny. They all look like shit now. I gotta bring up some of these screens. <laughs> oh my god! It's so funny. It's an RPG. It was a turn-based RPG. It's so funny because when you're when you're playing the game, you don't realize how good the technology is going to get. So you're like, "This is amazing!" Oh yeah, no, like when this when London Dragoon came out, the graphics were incredible, and the and the graphics for the cutscenes was so good. Right. But that's because I was it was comparing it to like Final Fantasy VII. So of like, course, oh my God, yeah. The graphics were so good, and now it's like, Jesus, looks like like literal dog shit. <laughs> hey, you don't have that. Only in hindsight do you have that comparison to make. The thing that was You're cool. Like, look at these little block sprites running around beating yeah, know, each exactly. other. Yeah, exactly. The thing that was cool about Legend of Dragoon was um, it was a turn-based RPG, but unlike the normal RPGs where you just hit like attack and you attack, each character had and it had continually different moves. Where there'd be these two squares that would kind of like float in and they'd and they would align up, and you'd have to hit it right as it lined up to hit the next part of the combo. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to hit like six of these to do like the full move. Not now what I mean. Yeah. You understand? Yeah, it's, that's hard. You gotta yeah, time it, was it just right. Yes. So Bullshit. it made it made the game a lot more interesting than just your normal attack, attack, attack. Right. You know. Just how fast you can press a button. It wasn't how fast. You had to time it. No, I understand, but the other yeah. games were just about pressing that, mashing yeah, you, the button as quick as you could. Right, which was you were like boring. Yeah, you just kind of like go to sleep and press the button. Yeah, yeah. here so, you go. There you go. Let me just hammer this button here as much as possible. Yes, there you go. I never used Maru though. I would use Dart and Rose all the time, but never Maru. Uh, she sucked. Oh, well, that's a bad thing. There you go. Well, I mean, she was hot. <laughs> I don't. Know Oh yeah. See if you can bring up throw throw one of the cutscenes into the watch together. <laughs> I'm sorry, Abby. <laughs> I, I didn't mean it like that, Abby. Abby, your art is like ten times better than the than uh, the graphics for Legend of Dragoon. Okay. Oh no. Did you insult Abby? <laughs> no. What did you do? I didn't. Well no, because he makes art with like the with the PS1 graphics. Bring well, I mean, that is kind of a stylistic choice, right? Yeah, 
when they did it with the PS1 graphics, they, it wasn't a stylistic choice. It was the best that they could possibly do. Yeah, obviously. What do you want me to bring up? One of the cutscenes. Oh, oh, oh. From the watch together. You know it's on YouTube. It's got to be. I'm sure it is. For, okay, let's see. Your amazing cutscene. Probably not that bad. Still, let's see. I haven't seen it in a long time. The cutscenes were often, I mean, better. They were usually, yeah, because it was just like computer generated. But the voice acting was real rough. Because. I don't it was know. Just it was dumb. just really bad. Well, actually, so well, the cutscenes on YouTube are like bad because they're all like, like, 14p like 360p or something for some right. reason i don't you know it's not like and i'm pretty sure i don't remember it looking this pixelatedly garbage you know when uh when it was on tv because it's like so. ancient history yeah you got to rebuild a playstation one in order to be able to play this game yeah so i don't know though maybe it did look that bad because someone's like done a they used machine learning to somehow make it look like better. Oh. So I don't um, know. Maybe it did look that shitty. I we talked about this where it says like when you look at things of old quality, I don't remember it being that old quality. So it's hard for me to was it actually that's how it actually looked? Or is it just something different about seeing it on TV and the technology changed to the computer? I don't know the answer to that question. Hmm. Anyways, couldn't find anything to bring up. Um. Oh. Dude, nah, it's not worth looking into. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. I found a Legend of Dragoo cosplayer for you. Legend of Dragoo. <laughs> what is it about my computer that always delivers me to the cosplayers eventually? Because you type in Legend of Dragoon hot ladies. No, I just typed in Legend of Dragoon. Yeah, sure, sure. It's just in the images. Uh-huh. Sure it is. It couldn't be it, helped. Yeah, sure. What did you bring up? Nothing. What sexy lady did you bring up? It always looked better on real TV? Yeah, I feel like it looked better. I don't know, but now you're saying, Jay has saying that the my mind filled in the gaps? Maybe, I just... You have to shrink the screen size. I guess that that's it because the image has been. That's probably the image has been stretched out. So, I mean, I guess oh. that's the thing. So, because it's four by three. Yeah, it's well, not just four TV. by three, but it's like four by three on a small screen, and now it's been like stretched to shit, you know, on the giant monitor. So, but I turned my monitor brightness down to like eight percent, and it's so much better took me a while to get used to it oh yeah turn your brightness down and have a yeah a blue light filter on it's way better okay okay oh we're done Matthew with for two new zealand oh. says y'all see authentic observers barbie video not no. yet I didn't even know she did one. Good new view. I saw was, it, but I haven't watched it yet. I'll, I'll add to the list. Was Barbie a feminist disaster? 
Right. You know, I'm triggered. I saw someone post on Twitter something. Let me bring it up here. I was fighting on Twitter earlier. You're always today. fighting on Twitter. I didn't know if we were going to talk about it or not. I mean, I was kind of stirring the pot a little bit. About what? I got to give Dan Irish a shout out for backing us up. What were you fighting about? Dan's the best. I tweeted out about the the DGG conspiracy. Oh, I didn't see any of this. Yeah. Um. Well, I just did about? it right before the show. So, well, what were you going to talk about? So I saw. I don't know. I can't find it in my likes. I saw someone complaining about the price of McDonald's food now. Okay. And the menu. In the picture, it said a McChicken sandwich cost four dollars. Okay. And they were complaining about bringing back the menu. I mean, the the dollar menu. And I was like, "Holy shit! Does a little fucking McChicken sandwich cost four dollars now?" I was like, "That's insane." And I looked it, it up, and it, it does not. Oh, okay. It costs a dollar sixty-seven. Okay. Right? Am I? Someone back me up on this. How much does a McChicken cost at McDonald's right now? I don't know. Do you know? When's the, when's the last time you've been to McDonald's? Maybe a week ago. What did you get? I got the Big Mac combo. How much did it cost? I think it was like $12. Wait, what? Yeah. Holy shit. How much does it... McChicken cost. Does a McChicken cost four dollars? I don't know. I was looking it up. People were saying it costs about two dollars. Varies from state to state. Well, I know it varies from state to state. Junior Which chicken I'm in, in Southern Canada. California, where they're like, what the hell's a junior chicken? Two for three dollars. Well, that's pretty good. Two seventy-five. No, 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 no. Okay, wait, hold on. There's two different chicken sandwiches, guys. There's the McDonald's chicken sandwich. It's like a big, thick chicken sandwich. I don't even know what it's called. And then there's the McChicken, which was like the cheapo, the cheap, small version of that. So maybe like the big sandwich probably costs more. I feel like I've tried to look up menu prices on the internet before, and I couldn't do it. I feel like you have to go to the location to see the prices because okay, they don't here, want this situation. Where maybe you, this is the problem. Um. So, Ashley St. Clair posted this, and it said that a it said a a normal cheeseburger costs three dollars, and someone was like, "What the fuck? That's not how much it costs." And she said it straight from the app. So maybe it's is she in California. Maybe it's just California suck. Oh no, she's in New York City. Oh yeah, okay, of that explains it. Okay, California, New York. Okay, because I'm like, what the fuck? Like that is insane. A McChicken sandwich. Okay, because then someone else said that the McChicken were them that where they were cost two forty nine. Of course. Jesus. So wait, that's insane. So in New York City, the McChicken goes up to four dollars. That's wild. This is how supply and demand works. God, New York sucks ass. Who wants to live in this place? 
Well, four dollars for a McChicken sandwich. It's what the market will bear. That's ridiculous. If they could charge someone eight dollars, they would. I understand how markets work out. <laughs> Not from our economic stream. It seems like yeah, okay. you were having trouble. Right, right. That's so crazy. Four dollars. That's wild. Look, I paid twelve dollars for a for a number one. Yeah, wait, what the? That's in, okay. How much? That's how, how much does that cost near me? Say McDonald's. I don't know. How do you how do you look it up? I guess I have to look on like. Well, there's websites. I don't know how accurate there are. Let me see. Because on Uber Eats, they add. It's not. They add extra money, don't they? This like is a good not, reason to eat home. Look, I shouldn't be eating at McDonald's anyway. It's completely unhealthy. I mean, it's been so long. I've never. I don't even remember last time I had fast food. Okay, let me see. Wait, wait, wait. Let me go to number one. Well, okay. So according to Uber near me, McChicken costs three three seventy nine. Holy shit! But doesn't Uber add extra to it? I don't know. This doesn't make sense. It says a McChicken costs three seventy nine, but a ten piece only costs five eighty nine. That the price difference seems wild to me. Sammy's getting mad that I went to McDonald's back when I used to I eat McDonald's. I, I knew I should have said like I don't know two years ago. I don't understand this. Back when I used to eat McDonald's, a McChicken sandwich cost one dollar, and a ten piece cost four dollars. How has the ten piece only gone up a dollar eighty nine, and the McChicken's gone up two seventy nine in price? How the fuck does that make any sense? I don't. Jared Smith says you should have went to In and Out. In and Out is I haven't eaten at In and Out in forever, but In and Out is a lot better than McDonald's. But the In and Out is so kind of, crowded. It's far away. And last time, we just drove by the In and Out on the way to the movie theater, and I was like, "Motherfucker, who's gonna wait in this line?" Like the line just zigzagged all the way through the parking lot and literally came out to the street. And motherfuckers be waiting in the street. Who? What? Insane. Why? Okay, this makes no sense. I don't know what the fuck's going on at McDonald's. They must have changed the McChicken or something. Because mm-hmm. the McCrispy, which was like the big, thick chicken sandwich, only costs four dollars and eighty nine cents. Which yeah, is almost that. that's what it usually. That's like what it cost like ten million years ago when I used to go to McDonald's. It was about four dollars something. And the McChicken would cost one dollar. Okay. You had a $1 McChicken. You had a four something Mc, McCrispy. The McCrispy still four something. And somehow the McChicken's drop was risen up to $379. Why is the McChicken so fucking expensive? What the fuck happened? Look, you don't even eat McDonald's. What do you care? It's I just want to know. It's called inflation. Yeah, but this doesn't make this inflation is at such an unequal rate. I don't understand it. Okay. Inflation. So, okay, so according to to Uber, a Big Mac meal Lucy's is what you got. Never been to an In and Out. Oh my goodness! I've never been to an In and Out. No, there's no near me. What do you mean? Oh, sad um, for both of you. So okay, so according delicious. to according to Uber, they have really good vanilla shakes. Oh man, I might go to In and Out after this live stream. What time's In and Out close? There you go. Okay, according to Uber, the number one cost near me ten dollars. So yours cost two dollars extra. 
Yeah. Look. Makes sense. It's better. That's pretty crazy. Everything is better in California. By better, you mean more expensive. I mean better. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> this is hilarious. Google has a... <laughs> has a live counter on how busy in and out is in the search results because it's always fun i went there like the only times i've ever been to the la i always go oh we should go try in and out it's just massive line I'm like i'm not staying in line for fast food this is retarded okay right it now can't be that good right now it's yeah. literally in the red for business. why is it always so crowded what the fuck just why sunday, can't they build sunday more? night at 9 p.m why can't they build more <laughs> where's the supply and demand there adam explain this shit to me People typically spend 25 minutes here. It's a fucking fast food restaurant. Why is In-N-Out always busy? 25 minutes. No. I guess I'm not going In-N-Out. Never mind. They close at 1 a.m. I know. I'm going at 12.45. It can't be busy at 12.45, right? Well, actually, is it? Does it take a like maybe they just slow in terms of making the food? I'm going at midnight, guys. Okay. In and out. It's a mission. I'm on a mission. Okay. Gotta I don't get want one of those vanilla shakes. I was talking McDonald's. I've been at McDonald's so long. Oh, not really? long I could have been talking about it, yeah. Look, I I I haven't eaten at McDonald's in a long time, but I was like, you know, I I could kind of go for some McDonald's. And I went recently, and I was like pleasantly surprised. It was really good. Well, actually, I did have so I actually did have McDonald's not that long ago. It was um, I had to stay up all night. I forget why. I had to stay up all night, and so I got a McGriddle. <laughs> it was oh. my reward. Oh yeah, I was McGriddles like mm, McGriddle. That was my reward. I was going to get a McGriddle, but I never did. That's probably why I was like, I feel like McDonald's, but I it was late in the day though, so I couldn't get a McGriddle. Right. Yeah, that's only breakfast. I do think Wendy's is better. Someone in chat told us that Wendy's had more lean beef in their hamburgers. I mean I I yeah, Wendy's hamburgers taste better to me. So I don't think I've ever... I've only streamed when I was at the artist studio. I don't think I've ever streamed just running around town or anything. Mm-hmm. They kill the cow on <laughs> That's why it's so busy. It's the that's fresh why it cow. Takes, that's why it takes so long. They kill the... Every, every burger is, prepa- is freshly prepared from a new cow. So, so here was the... There was a DGG drama. Yes. Should we should we clip out the DGG drama or is it? No, is it, no. Because we're I, I look. There's this weird thing. Yeah. When I mention it, that the DGG community, which DGG stands for, I don't know what DGD stands for, but it's Destiny's community. It's like the website. Yeah, I don't know why it's their their fan like our fa- like my fans are called a team. Such as fans are called S class. Destiny's fans are called DGG. They're diggers. <laughs> Gold diggers? I, what, you what can are they interpret however for? you want. Okay. 
I don't like to disparage the DGG community because yeah. the, I feel like we have a lot of overlap with the DGG community. We've covered Destiny because I perceive of Destiny as a person who is willing to call out madness on the left around the same issues that Sitch and I are interested in, economics, things like that, the, the crazy gender stuff. Although Destiny doesn't cover the gender stuff as much, he did at one time and then just made the decision that, look, I just can't cover this stuff because people are insane. Yeah. Okay. So we don't, I don't like, I don't want to pick fights with Destiny. We did a live stream and, and, uh, sort of a conspiracy grew out of that live stream. So mm -hmm. I tweeted out, and I, I this was a couple weeks ago now. I don't know that right. it was a month ago, but people were like, this was like a month ago, Adam. Why, do you, why would you think that we're still dwelling on this? So I tweeted out, what is the status of the DGG conspiracy theory that Sitch and Adam are secret Trump supporters? Has anyone accused us of crossing state lines yet? Gotta love people who are triggered by every conspiracy theorist alive while simultaneously perpetuating their own conspiracy. Mm. La laughing emoji. Like, just look, I realize that I'm a little bit like jabbing here, right? I just, it's fun because it's a, these, a, a couple DGGers will come in and be like, dude, that was like two months ago. What are you talking about? What was the, about? what precipitated this tweet? Anything? Well, somebody, I probably just like random comments on our videos that are obviously from DGG people. Oh, somebody, I tweeted something out and somebody completely unrelated was like, Destiny totally destroyed you, dude. Mm. Obviously, you're trying to make this about the Democrats. And I was like, the tweet wasn't even about the, it was like my, one of my housing tweets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I wasn't blaming anything on the Yeah, Democrats. no, there's like, there's like three or four people. Or just respond to all my tweets, not all of them. Like randomly respond to my tweets that have nothing to do with anything, and they just go like, ah, you're, you know, whatever. Oh, you're a secret Trump supporter. You're racist, and I'm like, it's like, oh, okay. I don't know who these people are or why, but well, I don't look. I don't think this is Destiny's fault. I think it's pandering politics is on Destiny's subreddit. Right. I do blame Destiny a little bit in the fact that there's really no evidence for this, and he's letting it be perpetuated like we wouldn't do that at all letting pandering politics right well anyway whatever what did you want to talk about this because i'm kind of super bored by this topic but was there something specific well dan iris just came in and okay. said uh you know somebody said oh this was months ago right right uh and dan iris comes in and says uh they're still going on about you guys and somebody responds uh they're not adam's a bit stunlocked right now Okay. They only come up when he tweets about the community. Okay. So obviously okay. it's just me. I'm the only one tweeting about this. And Dan Iris says, decided to look at Destiny's subreddit. <laughs> there are some large threads within the past week about them. Adam seems to be correct here. Mm -hmm. So they go back and forth. But obviously, I think somebody else chimed in and said, look, I just saw a thread that went up today. What you talking about? Mm -hmm. So, look, I only tweeted out because I was interested in a report. Okay. Because I don't want to go to the subreddit and look at this stuff. Well, we'll so. talk to ponder pandering. Yeah, it's, well, I'm sure it's going to come like up this. on Tuesday, but I don't want to make I don't want to turn our conversation with pandering politics and 
Oh no, it's not gonna be about that. Yeah, I don't. I'm just saying. I'm sure he's gonna bring it up. So he's gonna. Well, whine. He has a he... list of gr- he has a list of grievances he wants to whine about. I think that's mm-hmm. one of them. So yeah, his his list. He's making a list. That's very anti-Semitic of him to be making a list, but against yeah. Him. Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm just curious, you know, from a sociological perspective, how long before they burn themselves out on this? Well, I don't want to go. Have. I don't know. Look, uh, according to two people who went, no, they oh, aren't. Okay. They still it's still like going on. There's still gotcha. a major conspiracy theory going on. Okay. Look, I just it's hypocritical. It's totally hypocritical. Well we'll ask I mean that was one of the questions I wanted to ask pandering. Or ponderous. Look, I, this is this is the argument that they're Is that making. gonna be his name? Pandering or ponderous? Or we'll look, determine that I'll, on Tuesday. I will try and be nice. Yeah. I, look. I mean I'm not. This is his opportunity to, nice. to prove to me he's not Jangles. Okay. I'm my if I had to bet money, I'd bet he's yeah. going to fail miserably on that. Okay. And it's going to be a completely bad faith conversation with a jangles type individual. Sure. Since, I mean, I literally blocked him on Twitter because he would recast every tweet I did in this Kathy Newmanist way of right. saying I was saying something I completely wasn't saying. So, but, um, I don't know. We'll try to have a interesting dialogue. Um, Okay. Let's see. I read that one. To to create context, thank you so much to create context for joining the Free Will Seekers. Angry Bell's offer 10. What? Well, I just, um, I don't know what your list is on. I guess we'll collaborate on on what exactly to talk to him about. But the argument yeah. that they're making, I do want to ask him about. Because uh, it see the argument that they seem to be making is, if you're not willing to call every Trump supporter a fascist, then you yourself are in fact a Trump supporter. Well, I was, so I was going to ask him, why are people Republicans and why are people conservatives? Right. And we could go from there. Because then we could say, well, what is you know? Because they're we, fascists. Right, right, right. So we, I think we can kind of poke around the edges first and then move in. So. Right. Okay. Uh, Angry Bellsprout for $10 says, you do know we have troops deployed in Portland, I'm sorry, Poland, parts of Africa, Iraq, Kuwait, Syria, and other Middle Eastern countries. Just because no more Afghanistan doesn't mean no more de- this deployments. What, what is that in reference to? I don't know. I don't. I literally have no clue. <laughs> that was in reference to Angry Bellsprout. Okay. Um, to create context for five dollars, thank you. Says aliens are intergalactic pranksters and should thus be referred to as Alamos. This is my policy prescription. I agree with that. I agree with that a hundred percent. Cool. That's what we should. Yeah, they do seem kind of like pranksters to me. I mean, they do. They were showing up, probing people, killing our cows. It's very fun. To create context, thank you for the one gifted membership. Oh, go ahead. What did you say? Did you see the clip of the air the Air Force pilot that would constantly do like create UFO sightings as he was flying around in his F fourteen? No, what was he doing? Well, he would see like a campfire out in the woods, and he'd be like, "Oh, time for a UFO sighting right now!" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he would do something, you know, like slam on the brakes and pump the jets or whatever, so it looked like something weird. appeared and disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> 
But I was thinking, these are the guys. These are the guys that are claiming they—they're the ones that have seen all the UFOs. Right. (laughs) Exactly. They got pranked themselves. Yeah, I don't know. They got Ilamoed themselves. Uh, Galen the Driven for five dollars says, "Senpai, notice me." A team wins hearts and minds. Look at that. True, and I did. I hearted your wow. Your um super chat there. So officially noticed. noticed. There you go. Rich Jammer for seventeen months. Thanks so much, Rich Jammer. Seventeen months, free will seeker. Thank you, Rich. Says the system is keeping you down, man. You got to get rid of the system, man. Delete system 32, man. I, I should delete that. I think I have that on my computer. Yeah, we should tell them. Whenever someone starts complaining about the system, we'll tell them to delete system 32 from their system. That's a good idea. It is. Uh, Indie UK for $5 says, I'm mixed race. CRT fans have a habit of telling me when I'm a minority and when I'm white. Weird how my race changes on whether I agree with CRT. Exactly. exactly. I like that avatar, too. Yeah, you got the fully cool avatar. Cootie, yeah. Yes. Sitch, old games look better because they had a blurring effect on CRT televisions. Games were designed with this in mind. Just Google this stuff and it'll all make sense. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yay. What? Fuck you. Why? Asshole. <laughs> what? Let's see. I didn't say anything. What did you think of Trump's mugshot? I'm looking at these comparisons. Oh, wow. You're right. Yeah. Oh, the comparison? Yeah. Very interesting. Okay, that all makes with, sense now. Thank you, Contrast. With all the blurring effect now. or without the blurring effect? The blurring effect, yeah. Helps a lot. Well, that's what I remember. It. That's why it looked that way. Gotta yeah. remember to watch But here, Bob look, I'll show you a picture. This is why you'll be like, oh, okay. I gotta remember. Remember, Mob Psycho. Mob Psycho, yeah. Just put, add it on your Netflix list. I'll do that. Hmm. If you look at that picture, but look at it small, like you would in a television, you say like, oh, that looks good. And then when you see it blown up on LCD, you're like, this looks like dog shit. It is interesting. Yeah. I mean, both obviously look like dog shit compared to what we have today. Sure. But I'm saying if you look at the CRT one from like without maximizing it, you look at it when it's small. That's how I remember it. It looking. looks great, yeah. Yeah. And then when you blow up the picture and you look at the LCD, which is what we're looking at, you're like, oh, this looks like dog shit. Yeah, that so, little okay. blur effect does help. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Sweet. Thank you, Contrast. You've explained it. Yeah, we've learned something. We've learned something. Damn we learned it. something today, class. I hate learning. Learning is horrible. Learning, learning is lame. Did you did you show anyone? In, or were you talking to ourselves about this picture? No, I brought it up. Oh, okay. Just making sure. Of course. You're lying. Everyone wants to participate. Oh, you did bring it up. Yeah, look, I don't gaslight 
people. No, you just brought up just now. I brought it up minutes ago. Right. I'm getting Tell ready us. to bring up the fudge rounds again. Okay. Those things look delicious. I just I can't delete a picture that looks delicious. Do you delete pictures? Uh, that look delicious. I noticed you used that fudge round things as one of your as a thumbnail. What happened there? I didn't do that. That oh, was the algorithm. Hilarious. Yeah. It was me pulling the fudge rounds in. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do that. That's awesome. I was like, oh, look, Sitch likes the fudge rounds too. No. No, uh, that was me. Yaru for $10 says, Longtime viewer, first saw you on Destiny years ago. Last stream was sad to watch. <laughs> you guys make the best content on this platform. Made my undergraduate much more bearable. Wishing you all the best. Well, thank you, Yaru. Yaru? Yaru? Yaru for the first super chat. Thank yeah, you. and also for, yeah, for feeling our pain with the Destiny talk. Yes. Yeah. We are, we are completely being mischaracterized by that community in a way that's... Garcia. Unfair. Very unfair. Yeah. Uh, Stug for two five dollars says, wouldn't it be weird if quote systemic racism persists and harms minorities and and color conscious policies practices that the bougie support are the cause? It wouldn't be weird, <laughs> would it? Yes. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. It, systemic racism persists and harms minorities, and the color conscious policies practiced by the bourgeoisie support are the cause. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. That's yeah. Part of the conspiracy. Trying to keep Unfortunately, them I mean, it literally is baked into the part of CRT. They talk about it. How right. This is how you, you need the black faces of white supremacy to keep the system in place. Oh, you asked me about Trump's. Um, Mugshot, I did. Mugshot. Yeah. I thought you didn't want to answer because you're a secret Trump supporter. Yeah, got distracted. You should bring up. Um, I'll send, you should bring up Solidoge, Solidoge's mugshot of me. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I should. It's true. I'll do that. I'll send it to you. Well, I mean, I can find it. I already sent it. To you. Oh well. Um, May, that'll make it easier to find. Yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Why I didn't not? like Trump's mugshot. I thought it was lame. I thought he should have gone with this, the classic smile. The smile? The happy smile. Because um, when I first saw it, I saw it like really blown up. And when you look at it blown up, his eyes are so bloodshot. He looks like he's like blazed out of his mind or he's been crying. His eyes are super red. Really? Yeah. Um, but no, it's weird because when I first saw him, like he looks, he I don't know, he just... There's one or two things that happens when I look at it. Um, he looks, he either looks really pissed off and pissy. Like, it's kind of like, like when mom tells you that you can't go to get your nuggies and you give them like the, the kind of downward eye face, you know, you know what I mean? When the little kids like looks at you like by kind of like tilting their head down, looking angry mm -hmm. and kind of like pouting with their face. Right. You're like They're sulking. That's the word. You're They're like sulking. Nuggies, bitch. I said yeah. get them. He's making like a sulking face. That's how I interpret it. I'm like, why is he making a sulking face? This is so weird to me. Um, So yeah, I didn't like it. it to me, it looked like he's making a little, little kid sulky face. Or, or 
when I kept staring at it, because everyone kept posting it, the more I stared at it, the more the face changed to me to look like he was a quarter of a second away from laughing. I mean, wow. I just, you're really... Hmm. Okay. But bring it up. It looks like it, it looks like he's about to laugh. Like it looks like he's trying to make a face, but is about to laugh. You can see like a hint of a smile forming on his lips. When I look at it, I kind of see vengeance. That's the way that all the Trump fans see it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, I don't see it that way. Right. You see it as. Did you smell that? <laughs> He's basically waiting for you, waiting for you to smell it. Well, it's, you know, people are talking about how like both the left and the right are memeing on it so much and like it. And that's the thing. The, the face is ambiguous enough that people on the left like it because they think it makes them look stupid and weak. And people on the right like it because they think it makes them look strong and revengey. Right, yeah. So I obviously, being the more left-wing person here, interpreted it in the negative context. Right. Did you see, Um, I send it to you, the, yeah, because look how bloodshot his eyes are. Why are his eyes so bloodshot? And smoking. Yeah. I look at it as in... He's been crying. He's very sad. This this picture makes me think. Yeah. Like what he's thinking is, if I become a president again, you're fucked. That picture, when I look at it with the bloodshot eyes, makes it look like this is a 80-year-old man who's at a strip club <laughs> at 2 in the morning. And he got arrested because he was throwing drinks at the strippers. <laughs> a 70-year-old, 80-year-old businessman was wasted throwing drinks at the strippers and got arrested. That's what this picture looks like to me. Do you You're see nuts. it? Do you see it when I say that? No. Okay. The Giuliani one looks fucking like really bad. So wait, but look at it, look at his look at his mouth. Doesn't it look like he's about to smile? Doesn't look like he's like a second away from cracking a smile. No. No, you don't think so? Uh. To me, it looks like he's it, it looks like he's really trying not to laugh. He's like just about to laugh. It's just, it's so weird because How do you the, not see that? The mind is it's just you saying that makes me see it. Yeah, see, see now that I see, now that I've said it, you see it. Look at his face. Okay, look at his look at his lips. He looks like he's just about to start laughing. But I don't think I don't think it's because of the picture. I think it's because you're saying it. Why did I see it in the first place? Because I didn't see it for a long time. I never saw it until until you heard somebody else say. No, I never heard anyone say this. Until you heard somebody else say, "Oh, look." Nope. It looks like he's about to laugh. No, he looks like he's about to laugh. It looks like he's like he's like trying to make a face. It looks like he's trying to make a serious face, but he knows it's silly, so he's about to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> what if what if <laughs> what if he's about to smile 
Yeah. And they snap the picture ahead of time. Oh, you're right. That you know what? That would be funny. That would actually be okay. You know what would be hilarious? Everyone's like, oh, this is the best mugshot. It's right. so good. Look, this is perfect, right? And then you find out the secret is he, he was he literally complained for like five minutes afterwards. Hey, I wasn't ready. He was literally about he was just looking down and then preparing to smile. And literally a quarter of a second before he smiled, they flashed the picture. So everyone thinks that this was intentional when this was an accident. Ben Shapiro did like a whole 20 minute segment on how, oh yeah, he thought about this in the mirror ahead of time. And it's like, no, and it's all bullshit. That would be really funny. I kind of want that to be, you know what? I'm going to say that that is true just because I like that. That's a good story. It's definitely funnier. That's for sure. Right. Oh no. So, um, but here's, was weird too. So I sent you the version. I want you to look at the version he, he put up on Twitter. Okay. I, I DM'd it to you. I'm going to look at this. Tell me what, tell me how this is. Trump is on Twitter. He just tweeted out his mugshot and a link to his website, I think. You want me to bring up the missing Pat one? You can you can do that. CT did that. Oh. What is, what's different about this? Okay, I brought it up. What is the... Okay. What what jumps out at you? This is what Trump officially put on Twitter. What jumps out at you when you look at this? Election interference, never surrender. DonaldJTrump.com. Mugshot. Uh, That's nothing it? Nothing? Okay. The fact that it's Times New Roman font and that this was just made hastily in Word and that they took a screenshot. Does it jump out at you? Well, I guess. I mean, like, he literally just Did took a Word photo- document, they put a fucking picture in it, and they just typed in, like, the default Time New Roman font in all caps, mugshot. Like, I don't know, I just, like, I saw it, like, what the fuck? It's they- so cheap. Did they Photoshop out the badge behind him? It looks like they did. It's cropped. I think it's a cropped picture. Oh, it is? Oh, no, you're right. They got rid of the badge. I didn't even it notice that. It looks like that. they photoshopped it out. You're right, because yeah. you can see a, a an element there. A bad Photoshop, yeah. Yeah, see, this. why was this so cheaply done? Look, so I guess it wasn't done in Microsoft Word. This was done in like Adobe Photoshop in like two seconds. Well, somebody could have photoshopped it. Trump could have said, listen, I don't like that badge in there. Get that yeah. out of there and send it over to my Microsoft They did a guy. shitty job of it. That's like the easiest thing to fix. It's just like the background's like one color. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, look, I'll just stretch this. Oh, I missed part of it. Oh, well, send it over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We just fucking typed it like the default font in all caps. I don't know. It just it, It's so cheap looking to me. I'm kind of surprised by it. Trump is like, color correct my eyes. They're all bloodshot. Yes. I don't like that. Send no. it back to me. Are you nervous about... Yeah. Are you nervous about... About what? About the end of democracy or anything? <laughs> no. <laughs> not even remotely. Why do you laugh? Because I think it, I'm not nervous think about it, the end of democracy. Okay. If Trump, I, okay, if Trump wins, well, actually, I should take that back. If Trump wins, I don't think I think there's a zero percent chance that he's going to try to run for a third term. I don't think that's real. I shouldn't say zero. I think there's a zero point zero zero one percent chance. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm not afraid of that. I think what could be bad 
as if Trump wins and then he tries to literally start prosecuting all the Democrats and he gets a bunch of uh, sycophants in the Attorney General's office. But that's going to happen. I I don't think it's going to happen as much. They'll you be, don't they'll think, do, you don't think do he's going to wind up sycophants? No, this is what I think will happen. They'll do. You don't think he's auditioning sycophants right now? I think he is. I think this is what will happen. They'll do these investigations, okay? Like the Hunter Biden investigation. They'll do all these investigations that'll all take like a year or two to do. And everyone will go, oh my God, there's a threat to democracy. They're investigating all these Democrats. And then at the end of it, they're going to say, oh, we couldn't find any evidence of wrongdoing. They're all fine. That's That would be my prediction of what happens. Derek, Do you disagree with that? He's going to fill the DOJ with a bunch of sycophants that are going to go after Democrats and find they're mm -hmm. innocent. They're not guilty of anything. Yeah. Okay. You you you're, you disagree with this? You think Trump is going to? Why well, I, I think you could find some anyone guilty of anything. I mean, okay, I, so there's I I believe people break right. laws without knowing about it, obscure laws, and that you could pretty much prosecute anyone, find them guilty of something. So you think if Trump's president, they're going to investigate Joe Biden and a bunch of other Democrats, Hillary Clinton, whoever. And they're going to just create a bunch of trumped up charges and put and bring them to trial. They Is that could. your prediction? Okay, I don't think that's going to happen. But right. Okay. 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 But so wait. So you think that is going to happen though? Just I don't know. Okay. I'm you don't saying. Know. I'm saying if that was to happen, mm -hmm. I would not be surprised in the least bit. Okay. I, I guess you be would surprised. be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Trump tries it. I would be surprised if he's successful. Well, doesn't it just depend upon the people? He found someone. They, we watched the January 6th hearings. Yeah. He found somebody to, to an attorney to take over DOJ and send out the letter that he wanted to send no, out no, about no. election fraud. Yeah, I mean, he didn't go through with it, but he found it. It didn't go through right. because yeah. a bunch of people who worked there showed up and said, you're going to have half the agency resign in the same day. They threatened right. him. Right? That's what's going to happen, though. But all the people that showed up and said all the people are going to resign, right? he's ready for that now, and he's going to replace all those people. So I those see. people are well, not going to be in place to, well, that's not, to he, challenge okay. him in the same way. He literally can't replace all those people. We're talking about thousands of people. He could replace the top. The, I mean, that would all, be... All of, those, all of those people... I mean, we laughed about it because Trump didn't even know that those people, he had the power to fire. Now okay. Trump knows that. Well, hold on. Let's conceptualize this properly. Okay. I think if Trump wins, it's very likely that he'll have some special investigator like Mueller or whomever investigate Joe Biden and some other Democrats for okay. some perceived wrongdoing. Okay. As well as have an investigation into all the charges against him to make to claim that these are all fake charges. Those right? are the, that that's happen. the most important investigation. Right. That that investigation the, the investigation into the charges against him 100% will happen. There will be an investigation into Joe Biden or similar Democrats, okay? But there will be a special investigation um, with some kind of Mueller-esque 
person. If they come up with some charges from Biden that are like just obviously bullshit, like 100% obviously just bullshit, fake ass charges, okay? And they try to indict him on this. You're going to have a situation where everyone in the Justice Department is just going to threaten to quit. And I think there could be a very real possibility where Trump will just doesn't give a shit and say, fine, go quit. And we have this weird situation where there just isn't a Justice Department, except for like 10 people. Yeah, <laughs> but thousands that, of people just quit in the entire that, country, right? That, that Justice Department just became the most powerful weapon for Donald Trump because all of those 10 people will be Trump loyalists and Donald Trump can continue to use that Justice Department to do whatever he wants. E, but you can't if there's no one that works there. Really? An office of thousands of people can't be run by 10 people. A nation, you know, we're talking about offices nationwide. Right. Right. So you're going to have thousands, oh, this is what would but happen. You're going to have people this is that what, want to that are going to want those jobs and they're all going to be trump loyalists yeah but the problem is it's going to be the same trump has always had a massive problem if trump was someone more competent like desantis robert barnes is going to be working there there you go if trump was someone like desantis or someone like that i would believe that desantis would have some list of a hundred lawyers you know already prepared to, to fill those slots or something sure Trump has never. Trump has always been so awful at filling his positions. That was his entire administration: hiring people, firing the same people because he didn't like them. Hiring people, firing the same people. Hiring people, firing the same. People. He's so bad at it. I don't believe he could produce a thousand fucking lawyers to just fill into all his slots. Right. Well, so, I mean, it might happen, and to be clear, that might happen. Where we might have this massive amount of lawyers that'll leave. A mass amount of lawyers who stay but are secretly working to undermine Trump. I don't know. It could be a very bizarre situation. So I do think that's a, a possibility. But I think what's the more likely possibility is they do these investigations. They go, oh, we couldn't find anything. It seems kind of shaky. But, I mean, kind of shady, but we couldn't find anything. And then the Republicans fucking bitch and whine about it. And then the Tim Pool whines about it and says, you know, oh, this is why the Republicans and the Democrats are a uniparty, you know, and then that's it. That'd be my guess. Right. The only credence that I think the uniparty charge has is the fact that you kind of do have Democrats representing wealthy progressives. And you have Republicans representing wealthy business interests. I completely disagree with this. I think that's I'm bizarre okay. that you would even say that because we've literally argued against this exact point, but <laughs> oh, look at this. Remember when I said reflexively? Yes. This is what I'm talking about. You've we've argued this point. This is the stupid chart that everyone brings up. The Stanford study. No, I, I'm not talking about the Stanford study. Well, you're making their argument. I'm saying this is the only place where that argument has any sort of credibility. Which is what? That you, do, in some sense, you do have progressives only representing the interests of wealthy progressives. Like a lot of the policies, I don't think, are aimed at the middle class. But, I mean, I okay. Do you I think the like race? The of this. You think the race-based policies of progressives are aimed at the? They're not class? aimed at the rich. 
they are aimed at making the rich feel better about activism. They're made, they're aimed at making everyone feel better. Yeah, but not yeah. tangibly improving the lives of the middle class people. Yeah, but that's it's, a different question. Luxury beliefs. That's okay. what they're aimed I agree at. with you. I, yeah. I think framing this as uniparty is not a good idea. Well, no, I look. Because even if, wait, even if I was to accept your uh, statement, which I don't, but even if I were to accept it, <laughs> okay. Like so. Even if I were to accept your statement, the the rich progressives. I'm going rich, Jimmy Dore. <laughs> we are. The rich progressives and the rich conservatives fucking hate each other's guts. And they want they want the other to die. Yeah, so I it's know. It's not really a uniparty because they fucking hate each other. Well, look, uh, I look, and I only am saying this because I'm thinking about what party represents the middle class. That's that's my starting point, because mm -hmm. we the middle class needs representation. Let's just say you know this housing issue, affordable housing, right? I feel like the solution is to build more houses. There's all kinds of regulations. I have the answer to your the question. What party? What represents party the is going to? What right. party is going to I'll represent tell you. that? It's interest? very it's very simple. So left wing middle class people are the Democratic Party, and right wing middle class people are the Republican Party. Right. That's the answer to the question. Okay. So who's going to pioneer the lower the cost of housing policy? Middle class people obviously don't want that because they're not voting for that. Also, that would be a state issue too. Something like a federal issue. But. Right. Okay. So neither party. Well, no. Middle class people don't want that. Otherwise, they okay. vote for it. I, I don't... The problem is... We have the government we vote for. If people wanted things and that was actually what motivated them, we would have them. But they're not motivated by these things. Well, I think there are two factions in conflict, obviously. Homeowners and non-homeowners. Well, that's part of the issue. Homeowners want their property values to go up. Non-homeowners want their property values to go down. So they can get in. They can buy. As soon right. as they buy, they're like, oh, I want my property values to go up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's the problem. I mean, like, in Florida right now, we have a crisis. We have a, a homeowner's insurance crisis. Okay? The cost of home insurance is insane. It's, like, astronomically rid ridiculous. And DeSantis mm -hmm. has been completely unable to fix it. Or even attempt to fix it. And no, a, Republicans don't give a shit at all because he's fighting wokeness. <laughs> so I just like people just don't care. They don't care about these, or they don't perceive the politician as being at fault. Right. So George W. Bush was the last president who cared about housing. Arguably, the one that caused the the housing crash. Housing crash because of it, because they went about it completely wrong. Right. They were like, let's just give everyone money to buy a house. That'll let's work. just let them let's no, let's just cut all regulations, let the market be free. Listen. It, financial but, regulations, not home building because yeah, yeah, right, right. Cut home building regulations, exactly. it might have worked out. <laughs> um no, it was, well that that wouldn't change anything. Well, actually no, it would because it would have lowered the 
presumably it would have lowered the cost because supply would have increased. That's true. So yeah, maybe. Yeah, look, the what happened in Los Angeles was cash buyers were were buying houses, flipping them, you putting a bunch of cheap uh, uh, amenities in, right, and jacking up the price. Yeah, they they were doing that because there weren't new homes to sell. Sure. Yeah. No, hey. Adam, you don't understand. The housing crash only happened because the Democrats made banks give loans to poor people. Well, I mean, yes, kind of. The Democrats made banks give loans to poor people. No, the banks obviously wanted to give give loans to anyone this is the whole idea oh, behind a okay. ninja loan yeah so the money. banks of their own volition decided that they wanted to give a bunch of loans out to people that couldn't pay them back yeah and we're so confident in these loans being paid back that they were using these loans as collateral to trade with other banks right so obviously if they're being forced had their hands tied down being forced by the mean old democrats to give loans to poor people they would never have had any faith in any of these loans in the first place. Yeah, of course okay. not. Yeah. I mean, obviously, both sides are going to spend it, so they have zero fault in sure. any of this. But sure. But that's what I mean when, we, when I say no one cares about science or facts. Everyone, everyone retreats to the, pre, the predetermined uh, answer to the question. I so. do think the Democrats policy prescriptions are in conflict around the housing issue i don't know if that's the case for the republicans right, well if by conflict you mean they want to give people money but they don't want to cut regulations for building, for building homes yeah i yeah, agree 100 percent. of course yes that's exactly what i mean well see but that see that would be the good art see that would be the counter argument say okay republicans are the blame because they essentially were cu like cutting regulations to allow the market and banks to essentially have completely free uh, reign to give loans out to whoever the fuck they wanted. When the Democrats still had a stranglehold on the regulations for housing regulations. on local levels, right? So that would yeah. be that. See, now that would be the intelligent argument if you wanted to throw blame at both sides, right? Right. Unfortunately, all, I don't hear that argument being made usually. So look, I don't both sides at all. Okay. I all sides. You all sides. I gotcha. Look. Okay. All sides matter. Right. No, I yeah, exactly. I mean this is what I, when Anna came on, this is what I inefficiently tried to communicate to her. Right. About the Democrats being reflexively anti cutting regulation. Mm -hmm. I'm like, if you want to deal with the issue that you Anna and I both want to deal with, the price of housing. Mm -hmm. You're gonna have to cut some regulation. Some somebody yeah, so shared with me on Twitter sixty percent of the home problem. prices. But no, so are, people say this. They just they created this literal fake fantasy. They say mm -hmm. they just say, oh, the government. They just gave. They just pumped money into banks, and they just told them. They just said you have to give out these loans. You have to give out these really shitty loans to poor people and minorities. That no. literally is a just a fiction. It's a fiction that never happened. That did not happen. That's not real. Right. 
They point well, to there's like a handful give, of these give programs. Give the steel man. Give the steel man of the argument, though. The argument is this is the argument. It's the government, the Democrats, the bleeding hearts. They were so concerned to giving poor people and minorities houses that they went around to these banks and they said, "Hey, banks, you better give loans out to poor people and black people, and if you do that, we'll guarantee the loans." And the bank said, okay, well, normally we wouldn't give loans to these people because we don't trust them to pay them back. But now that the government is guaranteeing it to us, we will totally do this because the government told us to do it. And then the banks went around and they they did all this, you know, bad, bad loaning because the Democrats sold them to. And then whoops, all these loans failed. Okay. Well, Thomas Sowell makes a better argument than that. What he is says, version of Well, he says there also is this implication of... Mm -hmm potential litigation over discrimination right they'll be yes they'll be yeah. sued yes right you can throw that in there too they'll which i don't i mean that's a possibility definitely. that's all fake it's all 100 percent fake okay you know who's you know who you know who destroys this narrative okay I'm dying to hear tell me matt tahibi really that's ironic yes. mr Twitter blowing the fucking stacks on Twitter. Okay. He has a whole book about how that whole narrative is bullshit. Really? It's all bullshit. Um, and wow, so you does, read uh, a book that I haven't read. That's embarrassing. I have. And so does, um, what's I've read, I've read many books you haven't read. Adam. Such as, and don't say um, the Torah. That I've read the Torah. Yeah, but that's a give me. I'm not even Jewish. Oh, did you ever bring up Soldoge's mugshot in me? I'm getting ready to, but you're just okay. you're on a tirade. I don't want to. Well, oh, bring it up. This is the perfect time to have that visual in. Oh, okay. okay. Here, look, we've discovered Sitch. Yeah. Gave a bunch of illegal loans to poor people right here. That is He's true. Been indicted. I did everything right, and they indicted me. Right. Right. So, um, so Matt Tahibi did a really good book that destroys the narrative. Michael Lewis. Who wrote Moneyball? That are really oh, good I read Moneyball. This narrative. Of course, because um, they both say the same thing. They say this is all bullshit because if you just look at the timeline, when the banks figured out that they could bundle these mortgage-backed securities, which right. was essentially to give someone a mortgage, because usually banks made very little money in the past. Banks made little, very little money on mortgages because, like, you go to your local bank, you get a mortgage. They'd sit on it. They get the interest payments. That's it. Mm -hmm. No one. They didn't care, right? But in the eighties, and Michael Lewis goes into this. It was actually fun. This is what always happens. It's the government puts some regulation on the banks, and then they lose some big source of income. So they, they scour around trying to figure out some better way to make money. <laughs> It's true. Okay. It's what always happens. Totally, it's totally true. And this is what happened in the eighties. I forget what the regular. There was some regulation that the the government put on banks. The banks were like, "Fuck, we just lost like five percent of our income. We need to go search for a new financial instrument." They kind of search right. around for this new Eventually, scam. Some, yeah, some new scam. Someone figures out to do this mortgage backed securities, which is essentially what they would do. Is these banks would <clears throat> take instead of. What they would do is they take a bunch of different mortgages, right. they would bundle them together, and they would sell them to each other. It's crazy because it's like, okay, if you take a bunch of crap mortgages and you throw in a couple good ones, right. now all of a sudden it's a security that's top rated. 
Yeah, and, and the the idea behind this was, you know, even if some of the people defaulted on their mortgages, enough people in the bundle or in the security wouldn't, so it wouldn't really be a big loss. Right. Unless, so, of course, there's like a systemic collapse in the mortgage market. Right. And that, well, that was element one. And then element two was, even if a bunch of people defaulted in the security, it wouldn't matter because property value was only increasing, increasing, increasing with no end in sight. So at the so the worst case scenario is they default, the bank or whoever owns the, the mortgage-backed security repossesses the house and flips it and they don't lose any money. Okay. Right. This is what banks thought. This is why this narrative about the government forcing them to give poor people, that's like just bull, it's a complete bullshit. The banks literally thought that they had figured out the no-lose scenario. Mm-hmm. This is this is why when people were betting against the handful of people that were betting against the housing market crashing were seen as crazy people because no one fucking saw it coming. This is why the crash was so bad because no one, well, there's a handful of people. Most people did not see it coming because the perception was property was only going up and 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 up. Even if everyone defaulted, it didn't matter because you just flipped the houses immediately. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the banks view mortgage-backed securities as just a, a money printing machine mortgage-backed security go burr so the idea that the government Private was money. forcing them to do this is you're just completely divorced from reality of what was motivating the banks to do this and that's why as you said and you bring up and, and thomas soul neglects to mention this if the banks were forced by the government to give these loans these mortgage-backed securities to people that they didn't feel comfortable to why would the banks then be using mortgage-backed securities as collateral to trade with each other. Right, unless they think they're of value. Yes, obviously. I think the, the quants convinced them that they were of value, even though they obviously were right. built on sand. But see, that's, and that's another thing that completely destroys that argument. The banks, obviously, the banks were trading the fuck out of these things with each other. Yep. Obviously, they thought they were valuable. The If we had a situation where, say, like, the banks were creating all these mortgage-backed securities, and then they were, I don't know, selling them off to the buyers or and private investors or some other th- firm, investment firm, and then laughing giggly as the housing market crashes because they're like, ha, 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 Yeah, because they're not invested in any of them. Right. But we all know that that's bullshit. They were all heavily leveraged into all this shit. There's no fucking... If you, have, if you think that this was caused by the government forcing banks to do this, why the fuck were banks investment banks, okay? Commercial banks and investment banks, which are now kind of mixed together to some capacity. Why were banks so heavily leveraged in investing in this vehicle if the government was forcing them to do it and they didn't want to do it? Right. So fascinating. It doesn't make any sense. It's a complete nonsensical narrative. It's so fascinating because banks invest in financial instruments, right? Right and at this time, T bills are at zero percent, basically. Yes. <laughs> right. So you can't really put your money, park your money in T bills. You're like, look, I'm not even keeping up with inflation, right? So well, you got another to thing. find this was the tail. This is when inflation drops to zero, so the banks were like scrounging around for another way to find money too. Right. Well, I mean. Weren't interest rates kind of at zero ever since September 11th? Wasn't September the crash? Well, of I mean, September before, 11th? Before, like in the 80s when interest rates started coming way down. 
Right, but I, I'm just saying, like, the housing bubbles obviously yes. happened between 2000 yeah, 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 and right, 2008, yeah. right? Well, that's part of what made it a bubble, was because interest rates went to so low that everyone could just take out a loan. Right, but I'm talking about the financial instrument of the mortgage-backed security being created to yes to supplant this. You, you know, before that, there were T bills you could put, park your money in, and earn right. an right, interest right, right, rate right, right, that, right. Of, you know, hypothetically yeah. was higher than inflation. Yes. Now, with that off the table, you're like, I need to find a financial instrument that's going to earn a return, mm-hmm. and they cook up mortgage-backed securities as kind of that instrument. Right. The government steps back from providing an instrument that yields interest, and they're like the the private sector steps in, and they come up with this thing that's eventually called a toxic asset and completely collapses. So yep. Oh, and then and I and then so when when Michael Lewis and Matt Tahibi go over the timeline, they talk about how if you look at the numbers, um, the private banks were heavily leveraged into all these toxic mortgage-backed securities. Yeah. And it was only until, it was only at the very tail end that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac got involved in buying up a bunch of these toxic mortgage-backed securities. And the rationale behind it wasn't because they were bad. They thought they were good because everyone thought these toxic mortgage-backed securities were good because they were all getting fake ratings from the rating agencies. And the thought process behind why they were had to buy them all up was because they didn't want to lose out on market share. And the only reason they didn't want to lose out on market share is because they're not really government institutions. They're really private institutions that give a shit about losing out on market share. Because if you're the government, and it's a government agency doing a government thing that's supposed to fill in the stop gaps, they would give no fucks about losing market share because they're not driven for profit. Right. Yeah. That's the difference in those two financial instruments. Yep. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Pretty big difference, huh? Shh, don't say anything. <laughs> we'll do the uh, the housing crash video I'll never make. Look, we just made it. There you go. Clip it, CT. <laughs> I'll get like 10 views. <laughs> oh, man. That's optimistic. Uh, that's true. Bro moment for nine months says, Adam, very important. Request, please edit Trump's handsome mug on Sitch's face on stream. Sitch cannot know this. <laughs> oh, I, I can do that now. I officially okay. have it in the... There you go. Here we go. Whenever I start it. talking about how much I don't like Trump, you can put Trump on my face. You got it. There you go. Your wish is my command. Thank you for these uh, awesome mugshot soda. Looks yeah. great. Much better than Trump's actual mugshot. I hope Solodoge did this on a government computer somewhere. True. While he was working on, while he's getting paid on government time. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, who, hold on. Bra moment. You had a very good idea. What was that? Oh, I don't like looks, the tone of voice you're making when you say oh, that. This looks good. <laughs> this looks perfect. Sitch even has the right pose for this. Oh, there you go. Look at that. And his look, it goes into my tie. Look at that. Look at that. You're right. The shoulders, that goes well. Oh, I think there's one one little thing that I need to fix here. What's that? Here we go. There we go. Perfect. 
You can just remove the background. <laughs> what do you mean? Actually, if you remove the background, my mouth would stick out from the side. <laughs> I guess I could do that. That would look bad. I see the trigger warning. Very mad. Okay. The uh, seizure warning. Nicholas Van Neal for six months says, just in case someone else hadn't said it, uh, Zara Thurstra's Serpent called you guys out in a video. Fight, fight, fight. Really? Oh, really? Wow. I wonder what we did wrong. Probably because we were supposed to talk and never did or something. Oh, were we? I don't know. Who's Arthur's? Oh, I'm thinking this is someone else. I don't know who this is. What was the video about? Stop going easy on J.K. Rowling. It's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Stitch. <laughs> That's pretty funny, actually. Did did we get called transphobes? Is that what I don't happened? know. That is pretty funny though. Hmm. I do like that. Centrist. Is this, is this guy? Let's see. Calling out Adam and Sitch. Jesus. He's covering a video that we covered on J.K. Rowling like a million years ago. When was that J.K. Rowling video? I don't know. No. Oh, okay. I mean, well, there you go. We're feelings. called out. My feelings on J.K. Rowling have not tangibly changed. Right. It's officially been called out. It's official. Yes. Okay. Bring up the video. We'll respond it's right like now. It's like an hour and 44 minutes long, Adam. We'll do it now. I don't care. I'm tired, yeah. but I don't care. Bring it I'm up. I'm not doing it now. Bring up the video. I'm going to do it now. Bring up the video. I'm already hungry. Okay. Look, I can't go. It's not going to be mellow at in and out for two hours. Yeah, well, <laughs> good up, for you. Bring up the video. I am not going to in and out okay? I got two hours to kill before I can mm -hmm. go to in and out mm. Skate on by. Okay. Can't believe in and out is open till one in the morning. That's America. Are you Anyways. looking forward to Tuesday? I'm kind of looking forward yeah, to Yeah, I am. It'll be fun. Yeah, I don't know anything about, is this guy attacking us from the left or the right? Is he memeing when he's calling us out? The left? I don't know the answer to this question. Well, I don't know if he is. He's a big Democrat shill. Is he? Do you know yeah. this for a fact? You're just making this up. I mean, I don't. I only saw a couple tweets and I blocked him, so. Who? I would, pandering politics. I'm not talking about fucking pandering. Oh, who are you talking about? I'm talking about the Zarathustra's serpent guy. Oh, I'm talking about Tuesday. Yeah, I know Pandering's on. a fucking lefty brain rot guy. <laughs> I moved on. I'm talking about Tuesday. Okay. I said I can't wait for Tuesday. I can't it wait for Tuesday fun. either. It'll be fun. Yeah. yeah. Get over it. Okay. Nicole Van Nile. It seems like it seems like well, I don't want to mischaracterize Zara Thurstra. So Look, we haven't. I haven't said anything about oh, okay. it. Okay. I said my my position on J.K. Rowling hasn't tangibly changed. There you so. go. Whatever. Whatever. Probably not going to watch it. 
hour and 40 <laughs> minutes. I don't really, I mean. Doug for $5 says, quotes, I want colorblind populace that desires color conscious policy. Jamel Bowie, probably. There you go. True. Of course. What are we doing on Tuesday? We're talking to pandering. Pandering politics. That was the guy, the the other guy in the conversation we had with Destiny. The the struggle session we had a few weeks back. That's who we're yeah. talking to. So he apparently yeah, he has a list of grievances. He's very very butthurt about something. I don't probably know why, me blocking but, him on Twitter is yes. one of them, so but I'll let you respond for me Where? since you're my work wife. Okay. I'm sure. It'll be good. So yeah. And then we have share, uh, cherry and straighter who were also in that stream. On that the Tuesday 20th, or next Tuesday on the 29th. Oh wait. 29th of what? No, on the fifth. Okay. Right. So I thought, yeah, the next Tuesday after that. Look at that. Mm -hmm. Are you excited? Right. I don't know how Sitch could be so an idiot to think that obligating the financial institutions to trade opaque products whose risk can be calculated by law didn't have an impact. No, no, no. You're okay. I don't know how many times I could say it. So you cannot be an idiot. All right. If the financial institute, first of all, these financial institutions for the last time were not forced to trade jack shit. That is not true. That is a lie. That is made up. Whoever told you that is just pulling that shit out of your ass. If the banks didn't have confidence and were just being forced by the government to trade these opaque products, why would they be trading them with each other and think that they have fucking discovered the El Dorado gold mine? Answer that question. Or shut up. Anyways. Yeah, if they... Obviously, if they thought these things were a giant scam, they wouldn't have been investing in them themselves. They would have yes, been selling them off to dummies, exactly. stupid people. Which, by the way, investment investment agencies do all the time. <laughs> they do, yeah. Yes. Exactly. Not some bad investment, and they try to get some rube to buy it. They're like, oh, shit, we're way down on this. We'll just pawn it off on a client. Oh, that's a good idea. Yep. Who's dumb enough to buy this? Uh, oh my god for two dollars says i love if they keep us latinos out of the crt bs true hell yeah good idea uh bro mama for two dollars says to be to the previous super chat hey with riz easter island face there you go hey i like it hey hey hi hey um where was it hi Hi hi. Oh, that's supposed to do this thing where, like, if I don't keep scrolling, you'll like scroll all the way to the bottom randomly. Oh, when I scroll ouch. down, like one little tick, I have to go all the way to find it again. To create context for five dollars, bear tastes bear. like apple smoked bacon. Ten ten would hunt again. That's wow, it. Wow, you've eaten a bear. That sounds awesome. Crazy. I want that. I want some I apple mean, smoked bacon bear meat. Bear is too close to dog, I think. What do you mean? They just they look like dogs to me. I don't know if I could eat a bear. I don't think bears look like dogs. I mean, I guess a little bit. They have like the snout. Is that what you're Yeah. Their faces look totally like a German Yeah, but it's shepherd. a bear. I don't care. Well fuck it. 
I mean, you looked at a pig. Pigs are like adorable. Have you ever seen a baby pig? It's like the cutest shit ever. Don't look. I love pork, so let's just leave this ever, conversation. Little baby pigs are like the fucking adorable. Let's just leave this. And conversation they have these alive. little smiles at them. It is adorable. Little smiles and little noses. They're going. Meow, meow, meow. They're going. <laughs> they're so fucking cute. They're the cutest shit ever. And you fucking. I know. I know. And you fucking kill and eat those motherfuckers. So you can eat a bear, okay? The world is unfair. You can fucking kill and eat a bear. Pigs should be uglier. They really should. <laughs> that would make it better that we're eating them? Yeah. I mean, chick baby chickens are pretty cute. Little, little baby chicks. They're a little cheap and oh, sound. This sounds interesting. I'm assuming you've seen that horrifying video of the baby chicks going down the conveyor belt. I don't watch vegan gains videos okay oh, okay that's gonna be the thing you know that and like when we have figured out a way to grow meats that taste the same or replicate meat or something everyone's gonna look back at us and say how do these fucking barbarians do factory farming it's gonna of be course. like how we look back and said how do we have slaves i what the agree fuck's wrong with these people but we're gonna look at like they're gonna look at us say how did we have this factory farming it was so disgustingly immoral which i mean it is but what were you saying was interesting that we will be in that position no you said before i brought that up i don't remember okay oh no i it was about mark it's about the next super chat mark oh. robur's american ninja squirrel i you, you skipped some, some videos but... Oh, oh no, Jared Smith, thanks so much for too much. Jared Smith says, Adam, have you ever watched Mark Rober's American Ninja Scroll competition? And? Uh, 18 Reigns Supreme. <laughs> no, I haven't, yeah. but it looks interesting. I'm definitely going to watch it now that you bring it up. Looks cool. I should do that in my backyard. And the squirrel can carry a baby pup. It'll be even more heart-wrenching. That is pretty funny. So I'm looking at the video. So basically, if you ever had a bird feeder, you know, squirrels will like fucking go crazy for certain types of nuts. Oh, yeah. And seeds. My parents actually had to buy special seeds to prevent. <laughs> oh, really? Well, so apparently squirrels, like most mammals, have a sense taste for bitterness, but birds do not, supposedly. Oh, okay. So, wow. Uh, you can buy these bird seeds that supposedly bitter. taste bitter. And the the birds won't eat them. So the birds I mean, the, will eat them. The, the squirrels birds won't. will eat them. The squirrels will not eat them. Yeah. Look at the yeah. science. Right. Figuring out just how to make seed that the squirrels won't eat. Yeah, but other birds won't eat them. Eat. I mean, some birds won't eat them because I've seen it. Like when I've been like over, they have um, like the blue jays won't eat it because like their beaks, they're not. I don't know if you know. like uh, blue jays have like a pointy beak. Because mm -hmm. they they're made for like eating like worms and bugs and shit, but the cardinals they have like the parrot beak that's for crunching seeds. Oh, interesting. And so the cardinals will sit there and they'll they'll crunch it open and they'll get the seed out and eat it. But blue jays can't do it, so they just like get really fucking triggered. So they'll land on the bird feeder and they just knock the shit on the floor, <laughs> like <laughs> because they're like looking to see if there's any sunflower seeds underneath right. it. Because that's, that's what they nice. want. That's what the squirrels want. They want the sunflower seeds. Yeah, I'll be right back. Okay. Bungus, uh, Mark Ruberguy's channel is pretty. It's pretty funny. He's got like 
So he's got like a bird feeder set up, and the only way to access it if you're a squirrel is he he did like this very crazy obstacle course, essentially. So the squirrel has to complete the obstacle course to get to the bird feeder, which is pretty awesome. That is pretty funny. So based. Metal Works 411 for $10 says, what makes those clones any less human than you? What devalues their humanity compared to yours? By your logic, these people can be treated as second-class citizens. They should be. They should be. They're fucking clones. Okay, they're my clones. That means they're my slaves, baby. That's how it works. My clones are my slaves. They do what I say. And if I say that you're going to get fucking run over by a train so that I can live, then they're going to do it. And they're going to like it. Because I can always make more of them. They can't make more of me, but I can make more of them. They're indispensable. I'm back. I've I've seen the movie The Island. That movie is just bullshit liberal woke propaganda. Okay. I'm going to grow all these clones and I'm going to harvest them from organs, baby. That movie's based on a true story. That is That's true. That is really how uh, Scarlett Johansson became an actress. She was originally a clone. Oh, really? She killed off the original Scarlett Johansson, yeah. Wow, I didn't know that part. Yeah. Uh, Rebel Mark for one month says, the real answer to the robot trolley problem is yes, you saved them. Robot Terminator waifus have to start somewhere. <laughs> That's true. S-Class is the best class. <sighs> oh, listen. If you said on one track are five sentient robot waifus. And on the other track is one person. That changes the calculation substantially, okay? Does it not? That person is your mom. Well, then I have to save my mom, okay? <laughs> mom before hose, right? But if it's just a random schmuck, I'm sorry. Sorry, Rando, but I uh, gotta save the robot waifus, okay? for well, the good of society here's the question if i save the robot waifus do i get them or they go back to their owners because they go no. back to their owners. why the fuck do i care they go back to their owners no then they gotta run over the robot waifus the schmuck lives now yeah as Are the train as the trolley is coming i say if i save you do i get do i get to reprogram you to be mine and if they say no we must serve our masters loyally i'm like well do you have death. time to do that? I mean, it's a trolley. How fast do trolleys go? I mean, fast enough to run over someone and kill them. Listen, there's time. Okay. There's time. This is an important question. Black Hat 061 for 17 months says, Hey, dudes, thank you for 17 months. Says, hey, dudes, thanks for all the content. Mind if I get a little extra free will with this one? I might be becoming an uncle super soon. Wow. Well, sure. Yeah. So, to celebrate you becoming an uncle, I'm going to give you the special, special family bonus. You're going to get an extra unit of free will. 30 free units of free will just for you. All right. There you go. S class is giving you 30 extra units of 30 free will. 30 extra units. And A team is giving you 5,000 units of free will. See, but A team's free will. <laughs> Is just like, so when you get the S-Class free will, you see it's in like a nice package. It's all wrapped up. It's got like a seal that says like, uh, here at the, here's the S-Class, uh, Sitch, 
uh, provides a certificate of quality that shows that all this free will was ethically sourced. Right. You know, humanely from the planes of free will. Free will comes in like a, a brown fabric bag. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a brown. That's like it's like a beat up Amazon box. And you open it, and inside is just like a bunch of brown paper bags that, like, are just some like schmuck put in there, some schmo put in there. No packaging, and you just open it up, and your free will is just inside these brown like lunch bags. Look, it's a canvas bag, but it's nice. It has good stitching. Uh huh. Yeah, sure, sure. It's like this looks like a fucking drug deal like happened to get this free will. It's very sus. You know, when you when you open my free will, it smells like a a, a fresh spring morning. When you open up Adam's free will, it smells a little musty. What happened here? Exactly. You say, what happened here? Sounds a little, smells a little musty. No, I, I, no, my free will is just as good. Same free will, different package. Okay. It's not. So there you you go. 5,030 units of free will for becoming an uncle. (laughs) Okay. Enjoy. What was the thing that you said? What's going on here? Orca for $2. Sitch, you didn't finish my chat. Free A-team. Oh. I was like, what? What? Sitch is now only reading half of Super Chats. You have to Super Chat again if you want us to read the second half. Was there an A-team Reign Supreme I missed? I don't know. Probably. Maybe you just said it too quietly and they couldn't hear it. I was looking for it, but I couldn't find it. Oh, you're right. Hi, Wormy. Oh, it said hi, Wormy? Is that what yeah, you I'm so sorry. I forgot the hi, Wormy. I do apologize for that. I was I brought Wormy out from his box to say hello. He's just happy for two Aussies as you guys talk about the Eric July drama. Oh, yeah. You want to talk about that? We can, but I got to go to the bathroom first. So you're talking about something okay. else. Keep reading Super Chat. So go right. ahead. You go. I was going to say, I just went to the bathroom. I was going to ask, do you need to go to the bathroom? Yes. Well, you, look, you could have gone over. Look, I'm talking to myself here. Go. Let's see here. I'll wait till Sitch gets back to talk about the Eric July drama. Old school for four ninety nine says, Adam, Discord messes with both my Blue Yeti and Sure Mics. Discord is a garbage app. Look, I'm going to heart that right now, old school, because I agree. Why? I don't get that. Discord does have the advantage of you can change the microphone settings of individuals in the call, I guess, to kind of come up with a good microphone mix. But does that mean that it adjusts their microphone settings on their computer? Is that what's happening? Mahler is adjusting my mic? I feel like it's not. Dr. Diddler, a member for 17 months. Oh, perfect timing. S-Class General for me to read this super chat while Sitch has gone to the bathroom. Had some good times on stream, like Adam hating his impreg art. Adam falling for updog and rule 34. Adam admitting he has uh, bones from the Lindenberg baby. Oh, interesting. Oh, those were all good times on stream. I don't have bones from the Lindenberg, baby. 
But thank you for being a 17-month member. Even though you're S-Class General, I do appreciate the, your membership. Your Ray is a member for nine months and says, Hey, Sitch and Adam, when we gonna retake Constantinople to end male loneliness 100 percent is is const is uh, constantinople have a large population of single women is that the goal hmm i guess we could work on that sure i'm game mr president for 499 says sitch the way you pronounce words frustrates me oh to no end. I know exactly what you're talking about. The way he says nuclear. Well, who says that? <laughs> nuclear. You say nuclear. Nuclear. There's other words too that he pronounces fun funky. Uh, David Pluff, member for 12 months, free will seeker says, I'd let the trolley run over my ex wife. But she loves trains. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's a great one. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if you have an ex-wife. Hmm. Ex-wife jokes are funny. I don't have an ex-wife. So I can't, but I still make an ex-wife joke occasionally just because I know it's funny. Okay. Sometimes okay. I wonder if people think I have an ex-wife because I make that joke. You don't? Nope. I'm assuming you don't either. <laughs> You'll never know. Wow. Sitch has a secret. I've been married four times. Wow. That's why you and want divorced me to stop. five. That's why you want me to stop talking about you getting married. You're like, yeah. uh I've already done that four times, Adam. Okay, Eric July drama. You want to talk about it or no? Yeah. What is your first of all, what is the drama? Okay, so this is my understanding. I've only watched one Vito video and one Eric July video, and this is my understanding. Mm -hmm. So uh, Eric July has a comic called Isom. I-S-O-M. Mm -hmm. Made a shit billion dollars. He made, like I think, over a million dollars on this first comic. And his second comic slated to make $2 million. It's <laughs> an astronomical amount of money. I have no clue why, but, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> I haven't read it. But, you know, he's got a huge fan base for some reason. I've never seen any of his content, so I don't even know what he talks about. Maybe he's amazing. I don't know. So anyway, um, so his comic called Isom. Uh, Vito and Dick Masterson very publicly, Vito talked about this when he was on our show, were very publicly criticizing his comic, saying it sucks. And it's right. poorly written and stuff like that. Um, so they've been very harsh critics of his comic. Uh, apparently someone who is a fan, well, here's the contentious argument. Okay. I don't know how to tell the story neutrally. So I'll say, I'll, I'll say this. Okay. A person, some person apparently went to the, an organization called the International School of Ministry, which is some Christian organization that has the same acronym ISOM. And they went to them and they, and they kind of did a troll letter where they said, Hey, do you know that this Eric July fella is making a comic book called Isom? 
He's confusing your trademark. They didn't word it this way, but this is essentially the point of the letter. He's confusing your trademark. Well, the, the troll actually turned the letter into evidence that there was some confusion going on in the marketplace because yes, they posed because, yeah, as a you're, journalist. Right. You're correct. That's important. And they said, yeah. And they said, look, I'm a journalist, and it's so interesting that your organization, ISOM, has started this comic book character with Eric July name Isom. And you're, you know, giving a voice to right. this comic book character. Your anyway. brand is lent, is being lent to this comic book character. Can I interview you and figure About out why this, what yes. your motivation was for doing that? Right. And you're right. That's what makes like, the what? troll That's what makes the troll effective is the person's pretending to be a journalist and they're pretending that they are confused by the two right. uh, brands. Right. When they aren't confused at all. They know uh, yeah, exactly obviously. what's going on right. and Right. So Eric July gets a letter from the International School of Ministry that wants to discuss some way to alleviate this brand confusion. Right. right. Discreetly. Discreetly. Yeah, that's important. <laughs> right. Discreetly. And they it's not really clear what they mean by alleviate the brand confusion either. Right. The, the well, letter they I saw is kind of vague in general. They probably want him to change the name of his comic. Sure. Obviously, that, would, that would be the easiest way, but he's going to say no. And so, who knows? But they had the be clear, they hadn't uh, threatened to sue him yet or anything. They just, wanted to, they just wanted to discuss the matter. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, Eric July gets this letter. Um, he kind of freaks out. He interprets it as an immediate lawsuit threat. And then he also believes that the person that sent the letter to this International School of Ministry, he assumes and believes, and he has some rationale for this, that this was actually Vito who did this. Did I? The one word people are going to fixate on is you saying he freaked out. What makes you say he freaked out? I only saw the video that he made, and it didn't seem well, like if he's, a, well, a freak if, out okay. or anything. So if he gets a letter that... And he says, I'm going to sue or implies he's going to sue Vito for this, for disrupting his business and start a lawsuit. To me, that's freaking out. Okay. Okay. I mean, just people wanted, can quibble about wanted, this, you know. Look, I just want to make it clear. I didn't, I, I didn't know what you meant. So right. now people know. Okay. So he gets this letter. He becomes agitated in some mm. fashion. <laughs> okay. That's he the freaks better. the fuck out. <laughs> he freaks out. He becomes agitated. He becomes enraged. Whatever fucking word you want to use to describe this. Um, he believes for various reasons that the person that sent this letter was actually Vito. And so he threatened to or implied he was going to, because it's sort of contentious what exactly it was meant, that he was going to sue, that he was going to have lawyers that were going to, he has big, big brain lawyers that are going to somehow handle the situation with Isom and that he was going to go and turn around and sue uh, Vito for, you know, whatever. Yeah, what is he suing Vito for? Because that's what I'm unclear I don't know. on. Whatever. It's, I don't know. Look, business let's just give. Tortuous, tortuous business interference or something. I have no fucking clue. Let's give, let's give Eric July the benefit of the doubt right. and say Vito was completely 100% responsible for this. Okay. I don't know that he was. Let's right pretend that Vito theoretically sends, we'll say it was Vito right. right okay 
Yeah, he's going to sue. I do not think it's illegal to notify somebody that there's a party infringing on your trademark. It is mm-hmm. 100% a dick move. Yeah, well, that was a part of the thing. A complete dick move. Right. So that was. You're, you're, the, there was no confusion in the marketplace until you right. manufactured it. Well, so I don't know because I. Uh, you, Okay. So normally, yes. I would assume. And part of when I first heard the story, I'm like, well. You could say Vito or whoever sent this letter is a, is an asshole and a bad person. But they're but not breaking the law. I yeah. don't think what they're doing is illegal. Now, maybe there's some legal issue if the person is committing pretending fraud, that pretending there's a, to be a journalist, sure. Pretending to be a journalist and pretending there's brand confusion in order to provoke not. a response when there's not. Maybe that's something. I don't know. If it was, I would think it would be more on the minor side of things. But okay. So that's... That was my understanding of the order of events. Um, Vito responds by saying, yeah, that person that sent that letter isn't me. Um, You have no reason to believe it's me. It is a person who is a fan of him and Dick Masterson, but is a random person that did this completely on their own without any sort of uh, commandments from Vito or Dick Masterson to engage in this behavior at all. Right. And uh, Vito talks about how you know, that this guy had sent them material about some other thing in the past that they had talked about on the show and how even though this guy's Twitter account is now deleted, you can go back and see as a very, very long Twitter history of arguing about, you know, a million different things over the years. And it seems unlikely, at least from his argument, that he, Vito, would have a separate account to argue with people when he is one of these new bars, <laughs> argues with anyone about any fucking thing. You know, on, on his Twitter main, yeah, he's arguing on main, yeah. Right, so... He's not secret about being a dick, which I mean. Right. Exactly. Yeah. My right. experience with Vito is that is 100% true. Right. 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 Um, and because of that, I'm inclined to believe that Vito didn't do this, that it was a random fan of theirs that did this. Right. Um, and that there is no evidence that Vito is this other secret account or whatever doing this. To um, some extent, though, I do think, I mean, they kind of encouraged it, did they not? Well, okay. Well, here it depends. So. There's a clip of Dick Masterson saying that he loves shitting on Eric July, and they did do something yeah. about they were attacking. So what? And maybe you can say this, and this is you could say we're. I think you could say that that they were not directly responsible, but you can throw blame at Dick Masterson to say that maybe he cultivated this environment because they did do his thing. I don't know if it was the same guy or if I don't know if it was Dick Masterson. So I'm probably butchering the facts here. There was some incident where Eric July was supposedly donating some comics or something to a charity. And they were like trying to make sure it was actually ha- like they were like, you know, calling a charity and checking to make sure it really happened. You know, blah, 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 blah. You're the charity yeah. police now. I mean, come on. Okay. Yeah. They were the charity. Don't say you're okay. I'm well, not no, involved yeah, in the situation. No, obviously you're okay. not involved, but right. I'm saying, look, Dick and Vito are the charity. Yeah, right. They were doing something to investigate this um, to annoy. I mean, I guess they're doing it for entertainment value, but I just look. They're doing it. They're trolling, and and Dick Masterson is very upfront that this is, you know, a troll. Yeah. Um. Now, so, but I I think it's a stretch to say that like doing that into making fun of Eric July like they would have any responsibility either legally or even morally for some random person on their own doing the ISOM thing. 
Because it's like, to me, that's like a huge stretch away from anything that they've done that I'm aware of. Right. You know, unless, unless they were, unless they were on stream telling people like, Hey, we want you to go find ways to fuck with Eric July. I don't think, you know, or unless they were just like continually just, you know, fucking with Eric July continually, like in all these weird ass fucking ways. And when people would, and, and kind of their fans would also fuck with Eric July in weird ass ways. And they would talk about it on stream and, and hype it up unless they were doing something to that effect. I don't see how they have any responsibility for any of those. I mean, I do think they're kind of doing that, aren't they? Well, I don't know. To my knowledge, they're not. They did it with one thing with the charity, and that was it. Okay. So it was just like a one-show thing. To my understanding. I'm not, okay. again, I'm not following this. Now, if, if it's true that they were doing some continual segment, you know, repeatedly, like the how we're going to fuck with Eric July, and like, he's like, oh, caller so-and-so, they fucked with Eric July this week. Like, then I would agree with them. They're definitely cultivating an atmosphere of people behaving this way. To my understanding, I see them both on Twitter fucking mm -hmm. with Eric July all the time. It was in between like, them like, fucking with Eric July and like, what does that mean? Like, they're just insulting him? Yeah. Just talking about how his stuff sucks? Yeah, and how mm -hmm. he's just a unprofessional and yeah. doesn't know what he's doing i mean he's got five million in sales i don't know how you can credibly make that yeah argument. but that's to me insulting someone continually is very different than fucking with them when i think of fucking with them i think you're you're not just like insulting someone's insulting someone fucking with someone is doing something in like a non-direct way right okay that's what i mean when i say they're fucking with them so okay. like if if they were, I don't know, like if they were trying to, like if they had their fans, you know, prank call Eric July constantly or, I don't know, try to call the, try to do something to disrupt the supply chain of comic books. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like if, if they had done Force something that was- Force him to change the name of his comic. Right. Or something that he's got that $5 million in sales. Yes. In? Right. I if mean, the, that's kind of a big deal. No, it is. You're not following what I'm saying. Okay. I'm saying if Vito, to me, you can't say, well, Vito and Eric July were constantly criticizing, I'm sorry, Vito and Dick Masterson were constantly criticizing Eric July. So therefore they are some level of culpability for their fans doing some weird thing like this. No, I, I understand what you're saying. Right. Yeah. I'm saying if, I'm saying if Eric, if, if Vito and Dick Masterson and their fans were doing weird things like this. Before this, the whole calling Isom thing, they were doing kind of like weird outside things like this continually, and they would make a big deal about it on their show. Then I would agree with you that they're basically ramping up their audience to act in some specific way. Right. So if they're like, okay. oh, you know, so and so sent, you know, mailed dog shit to Eric July, and we're going to talk about our show and laugh, ha 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 ha. So and so, you know, went to Eric July's house. And they burn stack of his comic books. Ha 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 ha. Let's talk about that. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying like if, if they were actually incentivizing people to do things other than just criticize them, then right. maybe on the, agree. on the right. internet. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Which to my knowledge, they, that didn't really happen. I mean, Vito came on our show and was criticizing. Yeah, but just, yeah, but criticizing is fine. Bad math thing is fine. Right. That's when you do non, when you do behavior that's outside of the realm of, of just criticizing or shit talking to someone. Right. What if that behavior is totally legal? Yeah, it could be, but I'm saying that would, to me, then you'd still have moral culpability. If if they had a bunch of people that were just like harassing him in a legal way, and they were talking about it and praising it, then I would say, yes, they're cultivating an atmosphere for people to behave in this way, obviously. <laughs> Vito for $2 says, 
I have a right to tell Eric his comic is trash. Is that really Vito? Well, if it, well, there you go. But see, that's right. That's, that's hilarious. That's my position. If all he's doing, if all Vito, Vito, you're some, trash. Get out of our chat. If all Vito, that is Vito. Thank you, Vito. <laughs> if, if all Vito and Dick Masterson are doing are just insulting his comic and telling his com telling him that his comic sucks, then they're not culpable for people that are fans of theirs doing some like extracurricular activity. What is it you, about Vito? You, you just wait, say his agree? name and he materializes. Do you not agree with that, Adam? Do I not agree with what? Okay. If all but they're I'm doing- I'm too stunned by the fact that Vito has just magically appeared in our thank chat. Thank you, Vito, for the $2. I've never seen him in our chat before. No, I've seen, I've seen him occasionally. Because someone, <laughs> I'm sure he has fans to go and tell him. They're saying, There's, sit down, I'm talking about this. Okay. If all Vito and Dick Mashin are doing is talking about that the comic sucks, yes. and they're just insulting him, right? Yes. To me, that's not- that's not you creating an environment where you're morally culpable or legally culpable if one of the fans does an extra activity outside the bounds of criticism, like calling up ISOM or doing something that affects. So let me push back. Okay. You're not morally culpable, but I don't think it's a stretch to think something like that is probably going to happen. Um... I guess it would depend on how they talk about him. Because, like, for example, we criticize people all the time on this show. Yeah, but it's different. Here. Um, We're like, don't bother these people. Don't. And not only that, we don't. I mean, hmm. What I'm saying is, like, if all they're doing is just laughing about how much this comic sucks and shitting on it, I don't think you would say, well, it would follow that one of their fans would do this, you know, troll where they try to get the, the well, trademark this, in trouble this to me place, that's like that's like such an extra level of activity this plays specifically into the narrative though that they're promoting though that's th Which that's in, that's the interesting dynamic here because so the the narrative that Vito and dick are promoting is that eric july is a shitty businessman doesn't know what he's doing mm -hmm. this is kind of promoting that narrative in a big way because he their their argument is that he didn't do any of the background trademark uh research to be in this situation so their their response to this is basically oh eric this is your fault you didn't do your due diligence so they kind of are in the position where they're saying he's got he has it coming right well who's saying that Vito and Dick Masterson. Yeah, but are they saying that just on top of saying the other arguments that they're not responsible for this because they didn't tell anyone to do this and they haven't created an environment where people would think to, to do this? And then they say, well, I don't on know top that of that also, look, I don't know that they're did shitty because he didn't look into the... I don't know that they're saying any of the stuff that you're saying. Okay. Yeah. I, but look, I'm just going off of what I've seen on Twitter. Right. Which on Twitter, we we Vito came on our show. We talked a bit about it with him. Yeah. I don't understand why there needs to be this big creator civil war thing. But maybe I'm just naive, and maybe this is completely blowing up 
Vito's comic campaign. He's got a comic campaign, and I think he's done more sales than we've done. <laughs> so, yeah, he's doing I very mean, well. Yeah. So maybe a lot of people are buying because they're into this drama. I don't know. Um, so maybe I'm I'm wrong here, and this drama is actually tangibly helping him with his campaign. Well, and even he, if it's not, okay. If, if we okay, if we criticize someone for making which a shitty we YouTube do video quite often, right. we just do a video listen, criticizing yeah, someone. If we criticize yeah. someone for making a shitty YouTube video. And they get all bent out of sorts. Right. Like a certain person named Quackademic Agent. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So that we regularly would make fun of that person because of that. Right. Right. That doesn't mean that that puts us morally responsible if someone goes and does a President Sunday on Quackademic Agent. No, it's not. Of course not. Right. So I'm, that's what I'm saying. In order for me to believe that Vito and Dick Masterson have some level of responsibility um, would be that in their show, they are incentivizing in some way for people to go out and do these sort of extracurricular activities to Eric July or to other people, which I haven't seen evidence of that. Right. Now, now Vito is asking to call in, which... <laughs> I'm inclined to just decline but because Vito, I don't, I don't really care. Well, no, I just, I don't think it's fair. Like I think Vito talking a bunch of shit on our show is just going to perpetuate the problem without Eric July having any sort of pushback. <laughs> it's like, no, have Vito come on. You can clip it then. This isn't really worth clipping. Otherwise maybe he'll come on and say something interesting. Uh, okay, sure. <laughs> I'll, Vito, I'll send you the link. What do you? Uh, <laughs> it's not gonna you, be a, this is not going to be a long conversation, by the way. It's going to be like 10, 20 were, minutes maximum. Were you making. Look, he said two minutes in the super chat. Okay, you already perfect. got him up to 20 two minutes. Two minutes. I didn't see the super chat. Two minutes is fine. What was the point that you were making before Vito so rudely interrupted our conversation? My point was the same point. It was saying if, if you were trying to ascribe blame to them for this. You'd have to show that they were engaged in some kind of environment where they incentivize people to engage in some kind of extracurricular activity. But you never answered the question about oh, whether or not question? you thought it was probable that the, the, you could see this coming from a oh, no, million miles away. Well, if all they're doing is criticizing his comic, then no, I don't think it's probable. Okay. Yeah, that's my answer. I think it is probable simply because of the narrative. That he's a bad businessman? Yes, because all of their audience is out to prove that narrative. Their narrative is that he doesn't know anything about business and he's completely naive to the ways of the world. And they're going to be fishing around for ways to prove that narrative. And this, I mean, does this not prove the narrative perfectly? Is this not um, evidence of that narrative? I mean, I guess a little bit. But I think that's too tenuous of a connection in my mind. Like, why was the bad businessman angle even attached to it? Well, Vito keeps tweeting out about spelling errors in his videos and stuff. Well, it's not bad business. It's just saying he's, you know, he's a bad editor. <laughs> Look, as someone who is a bad speller, I, you know, glass houses, I'm not here. I can't. Yeah. I definitely have no room. You have no room to criticize either. You're terrible, Sitch. Mm -hmm. You don't even know where the question mark comes when you do a question mark, ex exclamation point. Right. Yeah. 
All right, I've sent Vito the link now. Okay. See, we'll um, get to the bottom of this in two minutes. Okay. Well, we're not. I mean, I've like, why is Vito even coming on? I know his. We'll see if he says something worthwhile that will go viral. Vito, we want you to say something crazy, like use the N word or something. <laughs> not true. No. Please okay. <laughs> don't do that, Vito. Hey now. Hello? 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 What's up? Hey, how's it going? Good. I won't I won't take up your time. I just okay. you know, you guys are talking about it. I thought I'd give you any perspective you yes, might sure. want. Yeah. I won't derail the show. I'm a I'm a good guy. You're saying it in the tone of voice that makes it sound like you're going to. Enfler, 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 Enfler. Okay. Thank you. There you go. I got That's a little off brand for you as a social justice warrior, Vito. I don't know. That's true. I'm telling, I'm a little, I don't know what I am. Um, I mean, I'll just, I'll get to the point. We have a podcast and we don't like Eric July's comic. We don't like that there's a lot of these guys on youtube whose like job is to review media right they review movies they review tv shows they say star wars is you know ruined and kathleen kennedy is ruining star wars stuff i agree with you know some of it mm -hmm. not all of it and those same guys made a bunch of videos saying the comic industry is about to change marvel and dc are scared of the ripiverse the ripiverse is going to change comics forever you know, there's wait, a lot of people wait, wait, saying, wait, well, come on, Vito, you're talking about stuff we already know. This has all been said on our show uh, the first time. We want it. Sure, dirt. but I mean, Look, I think it sets so up someone, why. Well, you're someone, asking why are, a lot of people someone are Someone did this thing where they pretended to be a journalist. They contacted sure. ISOM and they tried to create a situation that w would be perceived as confusion, brand confusion. Okay. Yeah. Do you think that that would have happened? in a world where Vito and Dick Masterson's show did not exist. I don't think that this, obviously I don't think this fan would have sent that uh, without our show. So do you think any, anyone would have like this situation of brand confusion? Do you think that would have appeared in the marketplace? Had you not of yes. been involved? Yes. Okay. So you think sooner or later, someone would have gone, this is confusing. I don't know what's happening. Here. Let me put the put it this way, and I don't even know if people will believe me, but when Eric announced his comic was named ISOM, I googled the word ISOM, and the International School of Ministry came up, mm -hmm. and I said, "Oh, well, his comic hero has like a cross on his th like. Is he? Is this a reference to this organization?" Now, I obviously kept doing research, and I went, "No, this is like an original character. It has no connection to this school." But like, I understand that that confusion could obviously exist. He has what he has a character who has like a Christian trademark or has a cross on him. And it's it has the same name. It's like this very weird name. I've never heard anyone called ISOM. Uh, same name as this school. Right. Did you okay. say any so, of this publicly or is this just like your thought process? Uh, no, I did say this publicly like way back when. But oh, you, you did know. say this. Yeah. <laughs> Sitch, okay. How do you feel about it? Well, <laughs> okay, we'll continue. No, I, I mean, I briefly mentioned it. I said, is this connected? And then I said, no, it's definitely not. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's the thing is, honestly, I don't think they have a good trademark claim because uh, at the end of the day, like, even though you might have a brief confusion, it's like, it's still a comic book hero who like beats up bad guys. Right. 
versus right. school of ministry. Like these are obviously very different industries that they're operating in. Mm-hmm. So I don't even think he has, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, again, Rakeda talked about this. He's like, well, you know, because of the like Christian imagery, like they're going to harp on that. And the fact that they both sell hats that say I some on them, mm-hmm. uh, like maybe there's a well, case. And they're going to spell mo- smell money. He just had $5 million in sales on their brand. Well, let's be clear. If I was them and let's, I've been using ISOM for 12 years and then all of a sudden I don't have the number one result for ISOM anymore. I'm going to be like, well, is it okay that I just, you know, this guy's ISOM is more popular than my ISOM or did he actually take my trademark? Like they have a reasonable reason to be like, okay, I want to make sure this guy is using our mark correctly. Um, but again, at the end of the day, like, I mean, isn't the real question, like, are we trying to, like, start lawsuits? I mean, it doesn't really matter what my actual opinion on the lawsuit is. Okay, so my question is, so did all you guys do you just, like, criticize the comic, or was there some other activities that fans were engaged in that you guys were, like, cheering on? Um, We criticized the comic. We talk mm-hmm. about, we think Eric July is spending too much money on employees and warehouses and uh, you know, other associated things like, yeah, we do criticize He's a job creator. Why are you complaining? About? Uh, you can be a job creator without, you know, some of the things he's doing. Let's just say uh, part of the reason I'm invested in this is like, I'm a comic fan and I know the history of the comic industry and all these mm-hmm. like different comic publishers that have gone out of business because they got like a big head. Like I always think about the guy, uh, the co-creator of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles who he made a shit ton of money from the Turtles comic and immediately went, well, I'm going to set up a, you know, a huge publishing company and I'm going to buy Heavy Metal Magazine and pay all these people a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. And he lost like all his money in like five years. Right. And stories like that are super interesting to me where I'm like, yeah, if you have a success, you have to be very careful and you can't go, you know, it's like the, the, old, the clone high joke. I've seen the first two thirds of the MC Hammer mu- uh, behind the music and the money never runs out. Like, no, the v- money can Vito, run out. Vito, we don't care about your life first history. Of all, Thank you for making a Colin High reference. I do appreciate it. You're very welcome. See, I'm appreciated here. Yes. Uh, Ultimately, look, Eric July could be a very rich man for a long time, but we see him making a lot of very obvious business mistakes, especially as it comes to the the realm of What is Eric July suing you for? Wait, 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 wait. I need, okay. But to to finish my questioning, okay, or my question was, um, so, okay, so you guys are criticizing the comic, you're criticizing his his business practices. Business model, yeah. Was there anything else? I mean, I'm sure Dix said something. St- I don't know, man. Like, I can't. I, I know. I don't well, know. Like, okay. Did, did a fan do something like like something outside the realm of criticizing? Did a fan leave dog shit on his stoop and then no. call you guys and say, we left poopy on his house. And you guys went, ha, 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 ha. There's a guy named Riley who, mm-hmm. you know, keeps saying, I'm going to get in shape so I can roll up on Eric July and shave his hairy arms. Uh, okay. We're pretty sure that's a joke, right? You know, right, right. so we've laughed at we've got ha ha. Yeah. That's funny. Mm-hmm. You know, Eric July is saying this man is threatening to come to my house. And I'm like, I don't him. think he's serious, Eric. I don't think right. he's actually going to roll up and, and shave you. I think it's a bit. Does right. Eric so, July come up on the show every every time you do the show? How often does Eric July come up? At this point, I mean, look honestly. Here's the thing. Uh, after Dick reviewed his comic, we're like, okay, we did it. Uh, and we're pretty sure we're done with that. And then he responded and we're like, okay, uh, like and responded in like a big way, like calling, uh, like kind of went nuts. We're like, I thought this guy was a millionaire. Why does he care 
they were talking shit about his comic. And again, it's a situation where we just did a bonus episode. We read ISOM 2 and we reviewed it. And we mm-hmm. both went, all right, well, this is about as far as it can go. The audience is probably done with this. Uh, let's stop talking about Eric July. And then he makes a big video about how he's going to sue us. <laughs> so, look, you can say, like, why do you guys keep talking about Eric July? And it's like, I don't know, man. He keeps giving us something to talk about. Like, every time we try to get away from him, he either makes a video about us or he threatens legal action or he starts, you know, DMCA striking our fans and getting them banned from Twitter. And we're like, well, I, you know, I guess we got to talk about that. Because does it take up the bulk of the show? No, but but we'll touch on it. How is he striking your fans? Are they putting images of the comic or something in the tweets? Uh, there's been some. There was this saga where he started DMCA striking people, and to be clear, like some of those DMCA strikes, like somebody linked to a pirated copy of the comic. Obviously, right. you can strike that. Like we're, we're not. Yeah, stupid. that's we not get cool. that. Right. Uh, but there was another person named Vicky who posted two pan uh, two pages from the comic. And she said, the coloring in ISOM sucks. Here's the problem with the coloring. Like, you know, if it's a club scene, it should not change from color from page to page. It should be consistent lighting. Like, was making very obvious fair use criticism. Like, you're allowed to take a piece of art, analyze it, and, and talk about what you like or don't like about it. Mm-hmm. Eric Eric made the claim that you obtained those screenshots from, from a pirated copy of the book. Uh, and because of that, it's not valid fair use criticism, and I can delete it. Uh, but here's the thing. You don't have to own a piece of media to make fair use criticism about it. Like if I would take a clip of a movie, I can comment on the clip from the movie. I don't have to own the movie. Like this was a very clear false DMCA strike that, you know, and again, you're a multimillionaire. If, uh, if some lady wants to say that the lighting in your comic sucks, why are you spending time policing that? And striking people's accounts over it. Like, and it was a very clear false DMCA strike. So, yeah, we talk about that on the show. Like, Eric is very thin skinned. You know, he has plenty of fans who are posting, uh, you know, pictures of ISOM and saying, this is what I like. He doesn't strike any of them, but you criticize what? the lighting and, and he goes, oh, well, that's a, a, a violation. This is pirated and I'm taking it mm-hmm. down. Look, I, I watched Eric July's response video, I guess, to this whole ISOM trademark mess. Yeah. I. It's not completely clear to me whether or not he's planning on suing you, and if so, what he's planning on suing you for. So, right. do you understand that? Or uh, here's what I, yeah. Well, uh, Nick Ricada did a good roundup of this, which is okay. what is he suing us for? Because let's be clear. First of all, we never directed a fan to send this. Okay. Clearly, somebody who was a fan of the show decided they wanted to stir up some drama, sent a stupid email. Okay. I disavow it. I don't want people attaching the name of our show to their stupid emails that they send out and fucking around. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't appear that way. You're sending very mixed messages here. You're coming on our show and you're condemning it, but I see you guys laughing about it on your show and just having a riot fest over it well dick has the opposite opinion dick is saying i don't condemn what they did like <laughs> they're allowed to say hey i think you have a trademark violation here right yeah so, so you can see dick's where that a, conflicting message is going to tell people in the I future not i should keeper. do i'm right. not my brother's keeper man if you want to okay. say dick's uh encouraging people to do something wrong uh but at the end of the day again nick ricada said what this fan did, you know, I condemn it. Dick doesn't care. I think Dick is just like, whatever, oh, fuck it. But regardless, at the end of the day, there's no law against telling a company 
hey, there might be a trademark infringement that you need well, to there, look at. There might be some law, some sort of fraud in claiming to be a journalist and literally manufacturing a piece of evidence that there is confusion in the marketplace because right. the letter becomes a piece of evidence <laughs> in the lawsuit. That's okay. Well, Eric should figure out who sent the letter and sue them. And I, uh, if he thinks he has a legal case against this individual, I don't care. Go nuts, man. I don't care if some, you know, you sue some dumb fan of my show. I didn't give him permission to send this stupid email. If anything, it's created nothing but fucking headache for me. So right. I'd, I'd honestly, if you sue him, I'd be like, good. Maybe I'll tell the other fans. Don't get me dragged in your stupid bullshit. Uh, Dick's a little more like, yeah, what do I fucking care? But eh, that, you know what? I don't control Dick. I disagree with Dick on a lot. That's okay. uh, part of the show. So you uh, don't, but you don't know if that's the intent. You don't know what the intent is for Eric July. In terms of suing us? Yes. I'll say this. Uh, Eric July thought he had a really good legal case against us. He thought he had this big gotcha that he said, oh, they sent the email. I can prove it. And everyone's like, okay, prove it. And he went, well, I can't prove it. I was like, well, then you you don't have anything. Well, he, and even, even if, if he they could, could prove it, he doesn't have a the, case. Yeah, I don't know that that's breaking the law unless Again, it's a fraud case. There's two layers here. One he can't prove it was us. Two, if he could prove it was us, it's not illegal, according to, to Nick Ricada and other lawyers that have looked at it. I mean, let's be clear. We're not dummies either. Dick has a lawyer. He talked to his lawyer. He said, is there anything here? Like, do I need to be worried about this? And the lawyer laughed his ass off. He said, that's a pretty funny email. Uh, no, you, ha you have nothing to worry about. The, like, yeah, this guy's a troll and he's an asshole, but this is not illegal behavior. You're allowed. I'm allowed to contact Coca-Cola and make stupid jokes and be like, hey, did you hear about my buddy's uh you know he makes coke uh hats have you heard mm -hmm. about that uh, maybe you need to sue him you know so yeah it's a guy okay. fucking around it sucks but like, why does he no think that, okay. why does eric july think that this or he can prove that this was you he he doesn't think that oh, okay. eric july made a video talking a lot of game mm -hmm. saying i have receipts and I said, well, if you got receipts, what are they? Because I honestly have no idea what you're talking about because I didn't send this stupid email. And he goes, oh, we got them. And I'm like, well, I think now at the point where everyone is asking you, how do you actually know they did this? Like, what evidence do you actually have? I think now whatever secret magic information you're holding on to, now would be the time to clear the record. And mm -hmm. he made a video where he basically everyone's like, when are you going to sue these guys? When are you going to sue these guys? And he's responding to all of them going, when did I ever say I was going to sue anybody? I, we're not talking about. I don't. We're not suing anybody. So I'm like, okay. I mean, you posted a bunch of memes of you counting stacks of money. I assume that was you saying you were going to waste your money on a frivolous lawsuit trying to take me to the cleaners. What I'm afraid of is that Eric July is a big dummy who throws his money away constantly. So I'm like, this is the kind of guy who would file a frivolous lawsuit just to waste my time. But it mm -hmm. seems like he talked to a lawyer and they're like, listen, man, you can't prove it was them. And even if you could, uh, it's not illegal. That stupid email some fans sent. So he's completely backing off. Uh, this was like a huge miscalculation on his part. He figured, oh, I'm really going to nail these guys to the wall. And now that everyone's like, well, you need evidence. What? Did, how do you know they did that? He's going, uh, don't worry about it. We'll get into it later. He's got well, nothing. It, it's been a, it, honestly, you know, my, my heart was in my chest. I'm like a big, dumb millionaire is about to uh, file a frivolous lawsuit. Uh, so you were you were scared when you thought he was going to file a frivolous lawsuit. I don't want to go to court, man. Yeah, I don't, you I've don't want to have to hire an attorney. You don't want to have to sign a check for five thousand dollars for just for attorney no. consultation, bro. I don't want to talk to an attorney. I want to sit in my house and pet my cats and work on stupid YouTube videos. I don't want to add anything to my life. I don't want any needless legal bullshit. At right. the end of the day, though, 
if Eric July did sue me, uh, he's going to get immediately hit with anti-slap law. Okay, strategic la lawsuit against public participation. Still, a, it's going to cost you very, five thousand dollars out of pocket just for that. Yes, uh, he's going to pay triple our attorney's fees if he when he gets hit with slap. Because let's be clear, Eric July is not a, like a just a regular guy. He is a very obvious public figure. Okay, he's on Glenn Beck's news network. He has he has a comic book that has been featured on Fox News that has made millions of dollars as a public figure. OK, you cannot you have a very limited amount of uh, what you can do. Let's put it this way. Like it's very it was very common at a point in time where if you were a rich guy and you didn't want people to talk shit about you, you would just file a big lawsuit, bankrupt them and walk away. Right. And that's why we have slap laws. slap. Yeah, yeah we have it. slap laws because the courts went, well, this is fucked. OK, totally. but that's not how the law is supposed to work. Uh, so Eric I, Jai, as a huge public figure, he's going to need a lot more than these guys made fun of me on their podcast. And then one of their fans sent a joking email to a school of ministry, which actually might have a valid trademark claim against me. OK, so, well, I have one more thing and then we can wrap well, up okay, well, unless you well, no, do, I, I have a bunch of things because you, oh, you change the subject to to less important things is this well i feel like this is important okay what was what, the, what do you about? want to say what do you what what was less no, no, important? you say whatever you want to say first well you this you're really veto downplaying the impact of potentially having to change the name of his comic isom when he has a bunch of branding and five million dollars in sales so i just do you think veto that he is going to have to do that and do you recognize that that's kind of a big deal I recognize that it would be inconvenient for him to tr to change the name of his comic. Um, but let's be clear. He made that big video about us without ever contacting this school of ministry, which has the trademark dispute with them. Did you see the tweet they put out? Yes. Yeah, I did. Okay. So if he's worried about his trademark, why doesn't he handle it like an actual businessman and talk to this company and figure something out? Instead of making this big, weird video uh, accusing us of having secret sock puppet accounts to start lawsuits against him. Uh, right. This seems like something where you, you from, disagree, from the tone with, you of disagree the with his strategy, but you admit that it's a big deal if he has to change the name. I don't think it's a comic. big deal. No, I think he could okay. change. I think he could change the name of the comic to The Incredible Isom. And it would like, what is he going to lose there? He doesn't like the name as much. You know, okay. he could be called Mighty Isom, and then it's very clearly a different mark. Like, how would you confuse Mighty Isom with Isom.com? Like, there are so many simple ways to deal with this potential trademark issue. Uh, and it's not going to cost. He's even said he said in multiple tweets, he's like, this is a minor issue and my lawyers are handling it. Well, that's very different from the, the fucking video you put out where you said we're destroying your life and your business. Now he's changed the tune. He said, oh, we've got it handled. Uh, well, then if you have it handled. Oh, you have other you questions? Want? Yeah, what is um, what is the the we sent the email thing that everyone keeps pointing to? Basically, like at one point, the same guy who later sent this email to the school of ministry mm -hmm. had previously sent in stuff to our show, right? Right. He had sent in a, a different email. He had sent to a, a comic book charity asking them like how much money they're getting from Eric, and these were questions we had. We're like, well, yeah, is he donating the money? Whatever else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think Dick puts it best, which is when you're doing like uh, like a radio show or a podcast, 
it can be fun to make it sound like you have some, you know, organization like, well, we've looked into this, you know, we've done our due diligence, you know, we've got this excited at the end of the day, a fan sent us an email and we thought it was interesting. We read it on the show. You know, when we said we, we didn't mean like, yeah, we sent the email ourselves. It was just kind of like, eh, uh, a fan sent it in, but we're, we're going to take credit mm. for it. I think, have you learned that that was stupid to do this going forward? <laughs> I mean, in hindsight, you know what? I never predicted a fan was going to try and get Eric July sued. You know, it's not the kind of thing that ever ran through my head. Like, well, wait, what if later this guy sends an insane email about a trademark dispute? Uh, Yeah. And from going forward, I think me and Dick have a pretty strong rule of like, when somebody sends us something, we're going to say a fan sent us this. Right. I think that's going to be the going forward, the way we Uh talk about that. If you're not sued into oblivion. You still um, exist. Bro, so, if Eric July sues us, we're going to get rich. That's the end of it. Because we're going to countersue this guy for defamation. Yeah. Uh, he put out he put out a video that very clearly said... You guys are public figures, it, too. What are you talking about? We're defamation. public figures, but you can't say, these guys sent this sneaky email if you can't prove it. Oh, and the way he phrased that, it... That's true. Yeah. Dude, the way he said it, and the way he, all his fans clearly came away with, with the belief where he goes, we have more receipts coming soon therefore insinuating that he has more information about some nefarious deeds we're up to that's defamation against my character to claim that not only can you definitively prove that i sent some stupid email which i clearly didn't send i i've brought up the history of the guy who sent it he has you know seven years of twitter history i was not in 2017 acting as this guy arguing with PETA. okay how how are you going to show damages though you actually your comic campaign went up by ten thousand dollars Well, here's the thing is the damages are what does this limit in terms of my ability to grow my audience? Like, (laughs) yes, some things have gone up, but let's be clear. Am I going to be invited on any uh, comic skate streams anytime soon? No, because they're all Eric July dick suckers and he's convinced them that we're running secret shadow campaigns to get people sued. Like if I try to enter into a business, I don't know that you were going to get invited on comic skate. I've been on comic skate streams. Absolutely. Regardless. No, I've, I was on. I mean, them. I saw well, you. Well, this on would be wait. So this, but this would be a counter. Yellow Flash stream. You wouldn't be suing him normally. It would, this would be a counter suit, right? Or are you talking uh, about suing him? Even at this if he point, we have him? enough that if we just want to straight up fire, or it would probably be me because the accusation was very clearly leveled to me that I right. sent this email. And let's be clear. Look at the chat. Uh, they believe it. People right. believe Eric July, and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he cannot prove this because it's a lie. I know that if we went to court, he would fucking lose. So I think he's scared. If you watch his most recent video, I think he's realized, fuck, I thought I had these guys dead to rights, but I've just realized I have no way to prove these ridiculous accusations I've put out there. Mm-hmm. He's put me in the position to have a very obvious defamation what, loss. What is the well, well, content wait, wait, of the wait, most wait, recent wait, video? Wait, 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 wait. Um, I don't know if him saying that he thinks or that he has extra receipts uh, that's going to prove it. I don't know if that's enough for a defamation. I think the fact that he put out a video that very clearly insinuates I did something that I did not do. He's he accused me of sending emails to try and coordinate lawsuits against his business and against a comic business knowing I'm a fellow comic creator. This that is, it creates it, a huge problems for me in an industry which I am trying to participate. Oh no, I, I agree, but I'm saying my understanding for defamation is you have to prove that they knew what they were saying wasn't true. 
I can I have just to say prove, he thought that it was true. I think I have enough to prove that he acted recklessly with disregard for the mm. truth. Okay. Well, you uh, have to figure out what is his quote receipts that he's referencing. Let's put it this way: I don't want to sue anybody. At the end okay. of the day, I don't want to. I don't want any legal trouble. That's good. But I don't want no trouble. If, if Eric is going to continue to insinuate right. that there is some sort of secret information that only he has that he can't show anybody, that that of, of what? What did I do? I, I mean, see the you tweeting he, about this guy every five minutes, Vito. How can you say right. you don't want trouble? It's my right. Look, oh, but you're sitting guy, here going, look, I don't trouble. want any. Hold on, hold on. If a, if a multimillionaire makes a video saying he's going to sue me into the ground, all his YouTuber buddies, guys with 500,000, a million subs, are retweeting it going, I'll do anything to support you, Eric. How, how can I crowdfund the lawsuit against these jackasses? I, and you, I, you think I'm going to just go, well... I guess I'll just wait it out. I'll just no. I'm on the fucking warpath now. Eric July is is done. Okay. Look, so if you can't wanted, look. You if you're saying Eric July is done, you can't say. Look, I don't want any trouble. That's all I'm saying. Fine. All right. You're on the, the warpath. You're, the you're in a now. kamikaze <laughs> mission with this guy. Yeah, exactly. I'm the so one. Stop. Who I'm telling him. Stop. Stop trying him. to say. Oh, I'm innocent. Veto here. I don't want any trouble. No, you're fucking perpetuating it. Here's here's the bottom line. I don't want trouble. I'm being forced. <laughs> I'm being my hand has been forced. It's defensive. He's, it is 100 defensive invasion. Guys, yes. I think you're crossing this state big, lines here. I don't think big, this is defense. This was a big fun joke. I go on my podcast. I go, I saw him. What a shitty comic. Eric July doesn't know what he's doing. The right. second he goes and accuses me of shit I haven't done and says he's going to use his legal muscle to expose secret information about me, mm -hmm. which is a blatant fucking lie. Yes, I'm on the warpath. It's a defensive warpath. Now, if Eric July wants to come out and go, this is not a defensive warpath. I've seen you on Twitter. Stop saying that. Wait, that what you're saying. Okay, I don't know, Adam, what you're saying I'm contradicts what Vito's saying. Just because... If if he's Vito's being attacked, I'm responding. I'm and the Vito's responding attacking party. back. He's not. Doesn't look, that doesn't disregard I'm the, the defensive warpath party. Argument, okay. He's a he's continually stoking the fires on Twitter over and over again. Yeah, but if yeah, but okay, but here's the problem. Okay, so if if Eric July makes these two videos and he accuses Vito of you know whatever, and then you now have like a thousand thousands of of Eric July fans constantly attacking Vito. Right. Right, and so then Vito's attacking the fans and attacking. He's Eric not July. attacking the fans. You're he's saying, well, he's stoking the fire, but it's like Eric he's attacking July's, Eric July directly. Eric he's not July's attacking the fans. fans are telling me I'm going to die. That they're going to send a secret ops house, uh, secret ops team to my house to dissolve me in acid. That they're going to obtain <laughs> Thanos, Thanos' well, magic funny. gauntlet yes. and snap me into a existence because right. they're fucking children and so, they live so in the world. Shaving of, uh, Eric July's arms—that's a joke. But this stuff is serious. You're worried about the acid coming out. No, you're I'm not worried wor about the acid bath. Let's is that what you're clear. telling me? No, I'm not worried about the. Okay, acid bath. so <laughs> what are you saying then? I'm saying that when I have hundreds of people telling me I'm going to get sued into the ground and I'm going to end up in prison, my reaction is to go, fuck you, fuck Eric July, fuck his entire audience. We will fight this thing to the bitter fucking end if we have to. Now, if Eric July wants to do the wise thing, come out and go, you know what? I jumped the gun. Sit, I, thought that, I thought I had proof that uh, Vito, and Eric, or, uh, Vito and Dick 
were engaged in these so-called gay ops. But at the end of the day, I think it truly was just a deranged fan. And as a YouTuber, I understand we can't always control what our fans do. And sometimes fans do stupid thing and we disapprove of it. If he does that, hey, Eric, great. Let's let's put it under the rug. But if you're going to allow your audience to run around and tell me that I did this fucked up shit I didn't do and that I deserve to die and go to prison for it, then fuck you. We will. Fu oh, this, this is going to go on forever then. OK, if you were if you thought we were too harsh on your shitty comic book before, you have no fucking idea the bitter end to which we will take this. So, so the balls in Eric July's court come out and say, we're not going to sue Dick and Vito. Dick and Vito did nothing illegal. I was wrong. Oh, That's what are your you, only what, fucking option. What are you going to do if he doesn't do that? I'm going to shave that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I can't. Sitch, look, you seem to think, think there's no contradiction here between the veto, you know, the one veto who is like, uh -huh. oh, look, I don't want any trouble. I'm just, you know, I don't I want to be so And the one veto that's coming out here and saying, look, I'm going to shave him. No I'm no, going to no, no, fight no. this there to the death. There will not be a single hair I'm, left on you don't that see, look, You don't I'm see not a Jekyll and no Hyde here? You're not understanding my position. I'm saying okay. that if, okay, I, I think if you're going to say, or anyone's going to say, that veto like cause the person to send the email to isom because they shit on eric july then you also have to believe that all the people that are now shitting on video and dick masterson from eric july's audience is eric july's fault if he's spreading false information about them being responsible for this right of course yeah okay so then if, so then okay so then that would justify under that framework veto to then turn around and then shit on eric july for spreading false information would it not I, real. Look, I, I mean, said I, this when Vito was on the show. I said, why are you doing this? What is the why, point you know of this? Wait, why why are you just engaged? The subject. You just changed the subject. I don't give a shit why Vito's doing anything, okay? What I'm saying is that under the framework that Vito would be justified to shit on Eric July if Eric July is spreading false information that's causing Eric July fans to attack Vito. Is that not true? Would you not agree with that, Adam? I would, I, you would have to go back and look at who started the escalation, obviously. I mean, if, if you're in a situation where you're exchanging attacks and someone is consistently raising the escalation, wouldn't you blame that party more than the person that was trying to de-escalate? Well, we're, de we're, we're just talking about shitting on people on the internet. We're not, I'm not talking about escalating behaviors outside of the internet. Okay. Bro, I talked shit about The Last Jedi for three straight years, okay? Captain Kennedy should have come to if you. If somebody tries to sue Ryan Johnson, it, it, do I got to feel bad, okay? If somebody if somebody sends some fucking troll email trying to get Ryan Johnson in trouble, do I have to go, oh, my God, I you know? Uh, do, I'm do you understand media, how but, feuds get escalated, how escalation happens among feuds and then... Yes, I understand. What happens higher and is higher levels of agitation takes place between yes. these two. Two like, comedians with an obvious saying, look, comedic podcast put out a joking review of a comic book and a thin-skinned moron. You're just, look, you're just trying to downplay the escalation that's he taking place He is the here. escalation. He's a millionaire. All he has to do is ignore it. All he has to do is go... Uh, well, I understand there's some criticism in my comic book, but you know what? I'm just out here doing the best I can, and uh, I really hope that the fans like it. Look. That's it. But this is a guy who... No, 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 no. Eric July Sitch, is the Sitch, ultimate you, in escalation. Sitch, do you see the letter uh, yeah. to the ISOM company as a level of ex ex 
Yeah, but they didn't send acceleration about. Yes, Vito obviously, saying he didn't send, obviously Vito's saying, not. Vito's claiming some that other he did not party send that did, but I'm yeah, saying but in the exchange here okay, there was wait. an escalate uh, escalation right. that took place. Yes, I, yeah, can I make okay. a point about that email? Look, real Vito, quick? Vito is ignoring yes. that escalation. He's can not. Wait, no, he's not. Stop. Wait, Adam. Wait, one, one second, Vito. Adam, you cannot conflate the actions of Vito with the actions of a fan and say that that's an escalation. Oh right. If, he, okay. if Vito yeah. is not, if Vito, you're I mean, right. you can throw no it at ex, Masterson. No if escalation he's to, took place. Wait, you're right. Stop. Look, it's an, it's my imagination that an escalation took no, place. No, wait, no, stop. What are, okay. What the fuck? I don't know what you're talking about here. Cause to what, to me, that's interesting. The, the part, the reason I want to have Vito come on and talk about this is, is, is Vito or Dick Masterson responsible on any level for the person sending the letter? I thought right. that's what the conversation was about. Sure. Okay. So if that's why I was asking these you're questions saying, specifically, you're, and you're saying they are nowhere near responsible. They have zero responsibility. If all, well, okay, well that's what I'm trying to get to the bottom to because mm -hmm. if if the primary if what they're doing is criticizing the comic book, right, and right. that's the majority or all of the thing, then then you say unequivocally no. Right. But but. We so but far if, have one additional uh, thing, which is that right. you had a Vito person went on his show and said, listen, I don't like he he admits that he originally said that there was this other item out there in the, matter. in the world. You're not tracking okay. what I'm saying. No, I am okay. tracking. Look, Vito said on his show that there was some I didn't say trademark that on the show. thing. I never said that on the show. Okay, so you said it oh, on I Twitter. You said, Twitter. I thought you did yeah. say. Right. So, so not on the literally, show. So Vito could literally be the origin of this idea. Wait, 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 wait. Where did you say it? It was on Twitter. Okay, you said there's a tweet. This was when he announced the campaign. Gotcha. Was like okay. a year and a half ago. Right. We have never talked about it on the podcast. Okay. I don't think anyone even saw that tweet. Gotcha. Okay. okay. Nobody ever saw that tweet. It so was like Vito is completely innocent, Sitch. Nobody ever saw the tweet. Okay, well, I'm doesn't... innocent by value of if they saw the tweet and they got in their head that it's the same trademark. How is that? Am I not allowed to think that the trademark is similar? Oh, you're completely allowed to think that, Vito. Of course. So what did I okay. do wrong? Tell I me don't... what I did wrong. Look, according to Sitch, you've done absolutely nothing wrong. Okay. But according to you, what did I do that was morally wrong? Look, you've created a giant headache for Eric July over this so trademark my thing. So moral, my moral job is to not create headaches. Oh, hold on. How did I create this lawsuit? What are you talking about? Well, first of all, you're saying that in you do not believe this trademark dispute. You think that this trademark dispute would have happened regardless of your involvement. If there was a world, another universe where Vito didn't exist, Vito and Dick Masterson show was never created. This trademark dispute would have appeared eventually and come to bite. It's my Eric belief July. that the ice I song don't know that that is the case. I think that's a kind of a maybe insane claim to even make you think that's insane you don't think that the the organization googles themselves and goes hey wait why are we not the number one result for isom anymore well, hey even, wait why is look, this guy like a christian if, superhero and we're did, a christian organization even if they did veto they would have to come up with some evidence that there was confusion in the marketplace they don't, oh, look, I don't think they this do need letter that. is like the perfect evidence for it hold on i don't think you actually need that to have a copyright claim you don't have to prove that confusion exists in the marketplace you just have to demonstrate that there it reasonably somebody could now they tried to include that email to say, look, there already is, you know, to strengthen their case. Look, we're you just can absolutely file a trademark dispute without that. We're just you're arguing that you didn't have a tangible effect on it. And I think that claim is potentially specious. So that's uh, the difference uh, but, of opinion okay. here. Sitch, I would love you to weigh in. Sitch, what do you think? Um, I would say, well, 
I don't, I don't, I can't weigh in on whether Dick Masterson and Vito not existing would have caused the lawsuit because you would think that eventually these places would Google themselves. But even if I say that, even if I grant you, Adam, that that complaint only exists because of Vito and Dick Masterson, to me, I don't really, that's irrelevant because them just pointing out or rather them just criticizing ISOM, that's fine. Like that's why I don't understand your argument here. Just like, why are you saying that You're they're saying not allowed that if we to criticize, criticize ISOM because ISOM, their there fan would never can be a lawsuit? That their therefore, fan can do something yeah. like outside the bounds of criticism. Like, what I, is the, what I don't what, under, uh, who am I supposed to answer here? And, and answer, can answer I at me, least answer hear me. one okay. question at a time? Adam. Here's the question. Okay, do you think that it's totally acceptable morally for Vito and Dick Masterson to rip on Eric July in his comic book and criticize it for being a shitty comic every day? For the end of time, you think that's yes, fine for them? To, yes, okay. yes. Okay. So but what you is can't, the problem? You can't come out and yeah. and say that there's you're not at least partially responsible for so the I situation used, that's taking place here in an immoral fashion. I should not have used my free speech. Well, okay, look, so I, I, look, you you want to put some moral valence on it, like that you did something wrong. I just look, I don't just say I, I did nothing wrong because I didn't. There is no um, nothing immoral about me saying Eric July's comic sucks. Even if that leads to someone going to Eric, if a crazy person hears me say that Isom sucks and they go, I agree, and they drive to Eric July's house and shoot him in the head, I've still done nothing wrong because okay. that is a completely unrelated event that I had no possible way of predicting, nor could any reasonable person expect my free speech to lead to that. And it's the same with this lawsuit. When I said Isom sucks, I didn't think... Gosh, you know, down the line, someone might create a lawsuit for this guy. That's not how critique of media works. When I review a movie, I don't go, this might create legal problems for Warner Brothers down the road. I'm just talking shit about Blue Beetle because it sucks. But you are celebrating that it the has created sucks, legal problems. I'm not celebrating it. You are totally celebrating that this has created Dick, legal Dick problems for Eric July. Dick thinks it's funny. I okay. said I think it's stupid. Well, anyway... Half of your show is celebrating. So. Okay. So, okay. So I asked you, do any fans do anything outside the realms of, of criticism? Right. Yeah. And there's the charity thing. Was there right. another incident like that or anything no. outside? I mean, the that wasn't even criticism? an incident. They, well, wait, well, I which mean, charity? an incident of a fan doing something outside the realms of just shitting and critiquing on his content. Uh, not that I'm aware of. I mean, okay. I, I don't know. Well, that's okay. So my Unless, position. Another yeah. another thing I want to mention is like right. we're not the only person talking about ISOM. So even this guy who reached out and, and sent this email, I know that he listens to you know like Vicky makes videos about this. Tony Ch TGB makes videos about it, and I'm pretty sure I've seen him you know tweeting at those people as well. Like we're not the only ones commenting on ISOM, uh, but we're bearing all the you know blame because he signed our names to this dumb email right uh one thing about that email is like he signs his name is roy gerbel like that's a reference to an entirely different podcast called phone losers of america like this was this is a guy who listens to a bunch of different shows i don't know what instigated him to send this stupid email okay you know you can say yeah obviously listen to our show but at the end of the day this man makes his own decisions and, and you never said on the show that isom infringes on some copyright no we never brought that up 
Okay. So that's why, so my position, I, first of all, I think you could say, Adam, I think you could say probably that yes, you know, Dick and Vito talking about this, you know, would potentially have someone motivated to do the behavior, but I don't think that makes them culpable for the behavior at all, just because they're criticizing someone's comic book. I mean, we criticize people fucking all the time. I don't think we would be responsible for someone going out and, you know, trying to put some of the bread tubers or whoever we criticize into some kind of legal jeopardy. Sure. Well, okay. So, well, what's the difference? Because you disagree. Well, you I think just, I'm look, being I'm too not, mean to Eric July. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say. <laughs> look, I'm not gonna say that Vito is innocent. I just, I don't feel like that's the case. <laughs> so okay. I just like, do you, do you yeah. Think look, that, do you think I'm using floor... my free speech to say yeah. you're you're saying look, you've done nothing wrong, and I'm using yeah. my free speech to say. No, fuck you. You're so an this, asshole. This man okay. who has a multi-million dollar product. Look at this. Look at this I sh I class reductionist here. Not... He's like, listen, he's rich, so we should hate his guts. No, 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 no. Hold on. Typical leftist. Hold on, hold on. No, Typical leftist. The power is balanced. The power. Look, you can spell better than him, so you have the power, Vito. What are you doing? Saying, you, have the, look, you have the privilege, the spelling privilege. If yeah. I devoted my energy to going after a homeless guy, I would get it. I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, who cares that his comic sucks? This is a guy who is being hyped up as the biggest independent comic. Yeah, and you're of all time. seethingly jealous of that. It's why would I be jealous apparent. of a fucking libertarian comic? I don't want to make libertarian you, comics. Look, well, I want to make you tell me you're, je you're jealous. You're jealous of the five million dollars in sales that he's done. It offends your sensibility as an artist. You think, oh my god, this is trash, and why are people buying it? It's a typical elitist perspective that a jealousy. lot of people have hold on, it hold is on. jealousy what saying, are you talking about saying this is trash why are people buying it is jealousy yes so what okay, yes so, you're so like oh I, my oh, god the they should up. buy on, my amazing comic from me when i say author genius when Vito. i say the last jedi is a piece of shit how on earth did it make a billion dollars am i jealous of the last jedi yes you're jealous that the culture <laughs> enjoys All that right, movie goodbye thank you fucking <laughs> okay. stupid okay Jeez. Well, thanks. Oh, uh, thanks for coming on, Vito. Uh, was, I'm glad you came on. It's a funny clip. So, what was it? I honestly wasn't listening to what happened at the end there because I was talking to chat. What what happened? You were saying that he was jealous of Eric July, and then he said, "Right, am I jealous he, when I criticize look, Star Wars?" And then you and said, then he, "Yes." And then he rage quit. Obviously, yeah. So Wait, the jealousy, you said yes to obviously, that, the jealousy. You think he's jealous about Star story. Wars? Yes, of course. I, okay, I don't agree. <laughs> That's a bad argument. Okay. Look, what is this? I, I've seen I've seen this a million times. Yeah, and I don't know how you you don't reduce it to jealousy. No, no, no wait, wait. When wait, people wait. come out and they start talking about things that are financially successful that are trash, they are they're jealous. They are we, jealous. Okay. If we had a conversation, how would, you, how would you not define that as jealousy? If we had a conversation with no thought, right? Second mm -hmm. thought, or I don't know, uh, who do we else do we cover? Wisecrack or some more news, any of these fucking assholes, right? Who have way larger channels than us. And they just said, you're only criticizing us because you're jealous because we're successful on YouTube. Mm -hmm. What would be your response to that? 
Obviously not, but we're criticizing their arguments. It's completely different. Well, thing. but the veto is criticizing the, they're criticizing the content of the comic book. Were they not? Right, but there are all, all kinds of comics that are not financially successful that suck that he could be criticizing. Yeah, but why would you? But that's dumb. That's like well, that'd be like if so, like sometimes people send me videos of someone saying some crazy shit, but it's like mm-hmm. a like a YouTube account that's got like fifty subs. I'm like, I'm not gonna like. What's the point? No one's watching this. No one cares about this. I feel like I'm just beating up on like a hobo. Right. That that's right. why culturally, that's that's why I said the cultural thing. Right, You're jealous so, that that's making a cultural impact. No, but this, uh, I, it's not jealousy. You say, okay, there's a person, like, if if you have limited time to talk about something, energy to talk about something, and you mm-hmm. say, am I going to criticize the thing that's super popular and it fucking sucks, or am I going to criticize the thing that no one cares about and also sucks? Why would you even bother talking about the thing that no one cares about? I still think they're criticizing Eric July because they're jealous of his sales numbers. I just, like, what is... What is uh okay. so, the so, elephant. how we, look yeah. assess assess the situation. Why are they consistently criticizing Eric July? Why are they why is Vito literally saying, you know, he's gonna fight this to the death? Because he, he has why a are they obsessed of, with this? Because because he said all these himself. people are attacking him now mm-hmm. constantly and and accusing him of all sorts of things that he doesn't think he's responsible for doing. What do you they mean? That's be, why they wouldn't be attacking him if he didn't have five million dollars in sales. Okay, I just, I don't understand. I don't think that's true. I think even okay. Well, let's just say he was. Let's just say he, he was made reasonably it a core popular. part wait, of wait, wait, his. Wait. He made it wait. a core part of his argument. He wait, literally wait. said, "Yeah, that's because part he of his said, argument. Yeah, the core part. The reason he was bringing up the fact. The reason he was bringing up the fact that he's wealthy is he's saying because you were talking about." You know, why, like, you're talking about, like, who is escalating what? And from Vito's perspective, he's saying, if we're some smaller channel, and he's some massive channel as a massive platform, why the fuck is he even responding to us in the first place? Why is he making a big deal about this? He's the one that keeps the drama going. That's why he kept bringing up the $5 million thing. He wasn't bringing up to say, you know, he's rich, so I, I just, don't like Look, I, I fundamentally disagree with you here. I, okay. I completely disagree with you. I do. You can like, wait, but wait. You're, you're giving you're giving Vito infinite charity. No, here, I'm as just if he's no. Not, we do this. Fu- no, the problem is that okay. You can say that. I'm sure there is a level of there's some level where Vito's like upset or jealous that that Eric July's comic made five million dollars and that his didn't. Obviously, there is a level that bothers me. If you want to call it jealousy, that. I, you know, we watch some fucking second thought video or some other, these like literally the dumbest fucking people ever who are just lying and making the shittiest content and they have a big fan base. Of course that bothers me. I yeah, wouldn't characterize too. it as like jealousy, but I'm like, I, I was like, oh, I don't, I wish people that were shitty liars were not successful, obviously. But, so okay? let's take the second thought example. Okay. Let's say second thought only has one video and we decide we're going to focus on that one video every week. <laughs> We're going to cover that video well, over that and over weird. again. Yeah, of course weird. it is. That's what I keep saying about this. I'm like, look, he's got one issue out. You've reviewed it. You've you've staked your claim that it sucks. Why you got to go on on Twitter and constantly make fun of his spelling errors and his fucking tweets? What's well, going the, on there? Well, okay, because it it, now it's no longer about the comic book. Well, no, okay. It's about, oh my God, he made a spelling error in a tweet. 
Why did you tweet about the DGG recently? Well, because they were lying about us, obviously. Oh! So it's kind of like what this was Vito's doing here, right? Well, that yeah, uh, that makes that's makes more sense, definitely. Okay, well, that's yeah. what I'm trying to get at. But look, this is what I this is what I was trying to get at. That was yes. like not going, not really making any impact. Okay, there are these situations where people get in back and forth over the internet, right? And mm -hmm. there is de-escalation and there is escalation, right? Yes. Is this trademark thing a point of escalation? Obviously. Okay, it is. Obviously. Right. You're you're saying that Vito is blameless. I'm saying that Vito, and to my understanding, to what Vito has said. Now, obviously, mm -hmm. Vito could be lying and someone could produce evidence that contradicts this at some point. But to my understanding, from what I've seen, so far, and what Vito has said, I don't believe that Vito and Dick Masterson are responsible for that escalation. There's a difference okay. between you, wait, wait, responsibility you, and blamelessness. I understand that, but let's are start. You, are okay, you saying that they stop. are blameless? Let us start. We'll work backwards. Let's start okay. at responsibility. Okay. Okay. Do you Look, think? I don't Vito, think they're responsible either. I don't. Okay. You can't make that claim. Okay. But you, at the so same time, can't make you the agree. claim that they're innocent or blameless. Wait, well, 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 well. Let's not. Well, let's not conflate innocent with blameless because these are two very different things. Okay. Okay. Because innocent is, you know, generally you mean innocent means innocent from responsibility, right? Or so, it can mean innocent from blame. Okay. So we'll start with responsibility. Are they 100% responsible for this being sent? I'm going to say no. Mm -hmm. You say now. Do they have some level of responsibility? Not responsibility. I wouldn't even, even use that word. They have some do they have some level of blame? Because just them talking about this, if they didn't talk about this, that person who's a fan of theirs presumably wouldn't have done the action, right? That's what you're asking. Right. Right. And I say, yes, you're probably right. Them just talking about it and criticizing Eric July would open the door for someone to engage in this behavior potentially. Okay. But I agree with that. But, comma, but here's the big but. So what? If that's the case, like, then anyone is responsible for anything anyone who's a fan of theirs does. Which we've all agree that that's not, I thought we all agree that's not the case. You know, this is kind of what we talked about with Sam. Like, if a Tim Pool fan or a Sam Cedar fan goes out and does something wrong, I don't think they're responsible for that in any meaningful way unless you can draw that they're creating the environment in their content that would lead a reasonable person or even maybe a slightly unreasonable person, slightly unreasonable person down the pathway to engage in that behavior. And that's why I'm specifically trying to ask Vito, did you or your fans do something outside the realms of criticism? <laughs> Be because to me now you don't, you're not, you don't agree with this logic. But to me, if you want to throw responsibility or even a level of blame that that's even matters morally onto Vito or Dick Masterson, I would say that that requires them to be basically cultivating an audience to engage in extracurricular outside the internet attacks on someone. If they were doing that, then I would say, yes, they're responsible for this action. 
they're cultivating this environment. If they're not doing that and they're just shitting on his comic book, then I don't think they're responsible. Okay. I mean, you literally in the conversation with Sam Cedar made a distinction between his behavior on our show and the behavior he had on his show. Right. And measured a distinction between there that you were uncomfortable yes. with. So right. I just like... Yeah, but okay, but so that's the question. So well, if, you you are saying that uh, that there are certain situations where right. content creators are responsible for of course the actions of, of course. Their, so okay. so if Vito were to say what he said on this show, or let's just, yeah, or go and goes back to his show with Dick Masterson and say theoretically that him and Dick Masterson all they do is they laugh at this and they say ha 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 this is great this is wonderful Eric July is a fucking mm -hmm. idiot. You know, if he sees this, we're going to counter sue him. Oh, my God. And all they do is they make the biggest deal about how hilarious this lawsuit is. Or how hilarious, not the lawsuit, how hilarious it is that someone sent this letter to ISOM. Okay. And they keep, they talk about how fucking funny that is again and again and again. If someone then goes off and does something similar in the future, then you would say, and I would agree with you, oh, look, you know, they should know better, right? Because they're basically promoting their audience to do this because they're hyping up you know, they're rewarding a fan essentially by by praising them and talking about it so much by doing this behavior, right? Uh, yeah, that's the easy assumption to make. Okay. Like if, if a fan was doing extracurricular trolling and we all of a sudden decided we were going to bring up all of that information on the show right? and talk and laugh about it, I mean, we would be encouraging that behavior. Right. Like, for example, and we can use Doomer as an example. Okay. Everyone knows that we actually like Doomer and that it's a joke. Okay. I don't think that's the case, but... Everyone should know that I actually do like Doomer. It is a complete joke that we that we do this thing that we don't like each other. Okay. If someone were to go and, like, mail dog shit to Doomer's house... Yeah. And then tell us... And we brought Privately. that up on stream okay. and right, laughed wait, wait. about it. Well, let me tell you what would happen in real life. If someone were to mail Doomer dog shit and then privately tell me this, I would, first of all, call him a fucking idiot in the DM and say, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I would never bring this up on the show because I wouldn't want to reinforce this behavior, right? But if someone did that to Doomer can, and we brought we... it up on the show and we laughed about it and talked about how hilarious it was that someone did this, obviously that would be incentivizing people to do something similar to that behavior, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. So what I'm saying is based on our interactions with Doomer right now and how we sort of poke and prod at him, if someone sent dog shit to Doomer or tried to get Doomer in trouble in real life, would you have we done anything that you think that would merit that response? That we would would we be responsible for someone engaging that behavior? Because people don't understand that we're joking. I don't care, and well, I just wait. You do have to care because that's no. Kind I of don't what care, we're and I want to. I just want to wrap this up because okay, this well, is can. getting exhausting, and okay. also I don't give a fuck. And <laughs> um, I just look. We have a veto rage quit our show. Why are we continuing to talk about this? That's true. This is, we're belaboring this. It's going to be like a two-hour video. No one's going to listen to. Okay. Well, we can just put the. We can just. I don't know how long this clip is, but. We can clip it. Unless you're opposed to it. I think it'd be a good clip. It is an hour and 49 minutes. This We did not talk to Vito for an hour and 49 minutes. Oh, wait a second. An he hour came on at like and almost 15 minutes. 
Has it really been an hour and 15 minutes? Yes, since we started the drama. Well, no, since no, no. We, we, since we, we would started start the, the Eric July drama. Okay. Look, you got to have the context of no, what no, are no. talking about. We could just start the clip when Vito comes on. Doesn't he just explain That's not going to be... No, that's not oh, going to okay. be... Look, Sitch, you really okay. should do some clips so you understand... Well, I don't remember if he explained it when he came on or not. He didn't... Look, we went straight into nothing was explained. Okay. If nothing was explained, then you're going to have to explain the context. Yeah. So it's going to be an hour and 15 minute clip. No one's going to watch. Okay. We're whatever. sitting here blabbering about all this stupid stuff. After. You, I don't think well, you can break it up, just CT. just wrapped it up and like... You can't, you can't break it up, CT, because... I mean, you like could bring break, you in could, Doomer side quests and stuff. Like, you could, you fuck? could leave, you could leave now, out the, CT, you have to introduce people to what we mean by Doomer because okay. it's like the context. You want me play. to, you want me, you want to finish and you're not letting me finish. Okay. No, we already did finish. No, I'm trying to explain. Okay. You, I'm saying you want to finish the stream <laughs> and you keep interrupting me. Okay. Continue. Okay. CT could clip. She doesn't, she can just end it when Vito leaves the call. She doesn't, we don't need any of that other stuff. For the club. Okay. If you want to shorten the clip. All right. Oh, sure. Okay. 20 rage quits. There you go. You can end the clip there. Okay. But we didn't say clip it, CT. How will she know? There you go. Well, you said it just now. Okay. Old school for, for $5 says Adam, Discord messes with both my Blue Yeti and my Sure Mics. Discord is a garbage app. I read that one. I think I'm. There you go. Where I'm are you at? at? Where are you at? Did you read Dr. Diddler's? Yeah. And Prager? Yeah. Did you read Yure, Sitchin Adam? Are we going to retake concepts, Constantinople to yep. end male loneliness? Read that. Mr. President says, Sitch, the way you pronounce the words frustrates me. Yes. A lot of people say that. Yeah. Look, I read a bunch of them, man. I okay. was on a roll. David Puff let the trolley run over my ex wife. Yep. That was the last one. Next one's okay. good. Uh, Silence, you idiot, for $20. Thank you. Says, I'll check the VOD tomorrow as per usual, but here's $20 as I defend Adam on Twitter for absolutely no reason. Even though he's right as per usual, I may mock him, but I won't let others do it freely. There you go. Was that Daniel Irish? That was Silence, you idiot. That was okay. not Daniel Irish. Well, thank you, uh, Silence. There you go. Thanks also for doing it on Twitter. Right. Uh, thanks so much, Yaru, for joining Discipline Equals Freedom, even though I said that already, but thank you. Uh, Neil Johnson for one month says, oh, shit, I'm a member. Thanks, J-Mac, most likely. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Well, there you true. Go. Well, might have been Potato. Might have been Lucy's been given some subs, too. So, Read it. I thought you said you already read it. David Puff for 12 months. First of all, thank you for being one year, David Puff. I'll let the trolley run over my ex-wife. Dot, dot, dot. But she loves trains. There you go. I love that super chat. Yeah, you can interpret the what that means. There's multiple interpretations for that. Right. Okay, I, I think got we it. know why she's your ex-wife, right? Yeah. Wow. Rough. Spud gone for ten dollars says behind on the stream, but just want to clarify as someone as something with OCD that that having POCD does not make someone a pedophile. Highly recommend reading the book Tormenting Thoughts and Secret Rituals. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um some weird guy for two dollars. Why would Senator Armstrong make the best president? I, I don't. don't I as not. I know the Senator Armstrong meme. Yes, from Elgar Solid Nanobots. I am too afraid to Google search POCD because I don't want that in my search history. 
to look up what that fucking means. So I'm not going to do that. But I'll take your word for it, Spud Gun. Uh, some weird guy for two dollars says, "Oh, you're the one." Uh, I read that one. It's just Abby for two Aussie says, "You guys played any Halo games?" I played Halo one, two, and three, but only the multiplayer. I've never owned an Xbox, so I've never played the single player campaigns in my entire life. I don't assume Adam has either. Right. Uh, WTF? Metal Gear Solid, I played. There you go. <laughs> WTF 1A1A for five dollars says I remember renting Monster Hunter for PS2 for a year before getting it for Xmas. Got to the point where we didn't even have to bring the game back. Game back just the fee. Yeah, at that point you might as well just buy it. Like kind of ridiculous. Right. Uh, the JP the IJP Mexican for twelve months says Oh, thank you so much for being a twelve months subscriber. Thank you, IG IJP Mexican says Oh, they are the same Adam Sitch. Next time you all play Minecraft, make sure Adam plays in third person the whole time. <laughs> S class is the best class. Ah. Yeah, in Minecraft, I like you can switch third, back and forth. So. Look, third per person is easier for me, so I like playing mm. that. I, I mean, think I, I played it that way in Minecraft for that reason. I mean, I because I started to develop motion sickness for some fucking stupid reason, I would prefer to play it in third person. But it, like, if you're trying to aim at something, it's like impossible because the, the aim is not correct. Oh yeah, so, yeah, that could yeah. that could suck. Uh, the J, but obviously it's more immersive to play in first person. If I didn't have the of motion course. sickness, I would obviously want to play in first person. A lot of games when you play in third person, when you go to like the sniper rifle or something, it changes anyway. Perspective. So, no, usually yeah. when you get in like a tank or something like that, that like too, in the vehicle, yeah. yeah, it changes third person. Um, Forrest for five dollars says old images look worse because our screens are higher resolution. When a twenty-seven inch TV was six forty PX wide, it looked great, but now the four K and the six forty looks bad. Yeah, that's a good point too. That's a very yeah, good point. Higher resolution. Uh, Electric Elephant for five Aussie bucks says, "Funny how quote master's tools can't destroy the master's house. Only applies to liberalism, equality, markets, and not racism, violence, and discrimination." That's a fan fucking tastic point electric elephant holy shit that's so good that's great that's wonderful gotta remember that one uh, electric elephant for two Aussie bucks says or white slash black race which is a western invention there you go uh, Saxify Dar says, "Congrats on the 50k, boys! Been watching since early 2022. Just got accepted into the YouTube Partner Program myself. You guys really deserve more. Well, congratulations, Sags. Yeah, wow. Congratulations on the may Partner you, Program. May you find success on YouTube. Yeah, find a buddy and argue with them. There you go. Blue in the face. Yeah. Does VR trigger motion sickness? Some of it does." Some VR does, some VR doesn't. I don't know what I don't know why some VR triggers me, some doesn't. I don't know why some first person games do and some don't. I can't tell. I know there's a bunch of things about frame rate and depth of field. I've never been able to figure out like what is the magical thing that that, that makes it okay. You know. There's a, like there's like some first person games I played that should really fucking drive me crazy, uh, but don't, and it makes no fucking sense. Um like uh um what the fuck is it called? I can't find it on my list. Whatever. There's some first person games that should drive me crazy. They're very fast paced. I'm jumping all over the place, doing backflips and shit, totally fine. 
And then I play Doom one and I'm like sick within like 10 minutes and I just can't deal with it. So I don't know. Do you think that's a frame rate issue? I think it has something to do with the depth of field. Oh, okay. That's what I, when I look it up, it's neon white. I can play neon white. I had no problem with neon white whatsoever. Um, but when I play Doom, I'm just like fucking can throw up in like 10 seconds. So, like the foreground and the background move in unnatural ways, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's, I don't know what the like how things are focused. I don't know the answer to the question. Yeah. So, yeah. Could it be the music? I don't think so. Smooth movements. Yeah, maybe the peripheral movement that really gets motion sickness going. Yeah, maybe. I mean, neon white is like visually far more simplistic than Doom. I don't know. So. Uh, let's see. Angry Bellsprout for $5 says, Only degenerates go somewhere other than Whataburger for drive through burgers. <laughs> Only exception is P. Terry's. We don't have Whataburger in Southern California. I've heard tell of it. I don't know that I've ever eaten a Whataburger. Where are Whataburgers? I mean, they're in that movie, right? Good Burger? Oh. Don't they work at Whataburger? They, no, they work at Good Burger. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Welcome to Good Burger. Holy shit, there's Whataburgers near me? I gotta go get... I've never... I didn't even know this. There's some, There's a bunch near me. I've never been to one. Well, I'll have to try it. Because I've never been to Whataburger, so. Interesting. Okay. Um, have you put ever put on an FP tester? Feel like something's fucky with my FPS? Um, I haven't. No. I mean, my computer's good. But maybe. Yeah, maybe. It could be. Maybe it's a frame rate issue. I don't know. Dr. Diddler says, I ate a classic Whataburger and it was the most average thing I ever tasted. <laughs> Okay, I'm getting mixed messages here. I'll try one for myself. Lucifer Doman for 10 Canadian says, an eagle stole one of my ducks. Holy shit. I found two kayaks for $250. My nephew and his wife had his second anniversary party at my place, and it got over 50 Celsius. Today has been interesting. 40 Celsius, but... I'm sorry, 40 Celsius. I don't know. What the fuck we is... We don't do Celsius. Yeah, I don't even know what that translates to. Doberman. Mr. That's 104 Doberman. degrees. Oh, wow. Pretty hot. Just thinking you, you said 50. Jesus Christ. Well, that's why he's using the C, obviously. Right. Yeah, is that what the C stands for? It stands for 40 degrees Canada? Well, you can tell his money is Canadian, too. 40 so. degrees Canadian? <laughs> yeah. I like that. That's That's Jesus. That's insane. Um, though I'm assuming it's not super humid wherever you are. So at least, that, at least that's nice. An eagle stole one of your ducks. That's just insane. What a day. You're right. You had a fucking crazy day today. Yeah. Angry Bellsprout for $5 says, One of your recent streams, someone mentioned being deployed, and you guys made fun of him saying there are no more wars, so how could he be deployed? That what? did not happen. I feel like yeah. that did not happen. Yeah, that definitely did not happen. I remember oh, someone wait. saying... No, that did happen. The... That was the, that was a good clip. That didn't happen. Oh wait, that did, <laughs> that did happen. Okay, explain this. To it me. was it was Nikki Haley's husband. Yes, 
Oh, okay. I thought you meant like a fan. Right. Obviously. Okay. The super chat like, makes never... it appear to be a fan. Well, they didn't specify. No. They just said on a recent stream someone was employed. Well, no, we both came to the same okay. conclusion. Oh, I understand. It, right? Okay, gotcha. I was yeah. like, what? Because I, I know we've had fans say that they're going to the military army. I was like, I've never made fun of anyone for doing that. No, did we make fun of that? I just remember you, like, they said they were deployed and we're like, where are they deployed? Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I'm aware that we have troops all over the world. Um, though I will say, usually when someone says, like, I don't know, maybe I'm mistaken here. When I hear someone say, deployed. That, my husband is deployed. To me, when I hear deployed, that makes me think oh, they're going into situation. combat. Yeah. Right. Now, maybe technically deployed doesn't mean that. It just means they're going somewhere not in the country. But when I hear someone say deployed, it makes me think they're going into combat. And that's probably what we were talking about. Yeah. Or that's probably what we were confused about. We're like, what? So, okay. But thank you for clarifying Andy Bellsbro because I didn't remember what you were talking about. It was a GOP debate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. evidently that offended you. So we're just joking around. Right. Gotcha. Uh, Fondue for $2 says, I thought the Trump thumb uh, mugshot was AI generated. In fact, I still do. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think Kyle... Fondue left because they wanted us to read their super chat and we could Ooh. totally derail for the. What did you say? I think Fondue left the chat. They were waiting for us to read their super oh. chat. Oh, well. Sorry, Because look, it said 920, and we started okay. the Eric July thing, and it just... Whatever. Sorry, yeah, Fondue. Spun out of control. Um, I didn't think it was AI-generated. It looked normal to me, but... Uh, as normal as an AI-generated photo can look. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Look, all a lot of AI photos look normal. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Kyle certainly ignores for five. Wazis says the McChicken in Tasmania costs seven dollars and seventy cents, but our fast food workers get twenty three dollars an hour on average. So I'm curious. I'm assuming. I would hope that that whatever the McChicken is in Tasmania is different than the McChicken here. It's probably more like. Is there a different, like, bigger chicken sandwich, or is McChicken just like the chicken sandwich you get at McDonald's? Because in America, there's a little chicken sandwich and there's a big chicken sandwich, and the little one is what used to cost a dollar, but apparently now costs somewhere to two to four dollars depending on where you fucking live, which is tragic. Do they still have those chicken littles at KFC? Those are the man. Those things were good. I haven't been to KFC in like fucking forever, so I can. Even when oh, I used to look. eat fast food, I've never been to check the KFC in forever. What? We we made it. It's almost time for me to go to In and Out Burger. Though there you go, there you go. You can get your In and Out Burger. Uh, Sashman for thirty five Zardos says, "Sup boys, I'm currently making an Sitchin Adam out of context video. It's funny as hell. Hard part is getting clips because the streams are long. It's going to be epic. Well, you probably got some good clips from this conversation. Of so. course. So, well, thank you, Sashman. That does sound funny." very unfortunate now we're dragged into this fucking drama right i don't think we're dragged into it no one's gonna care Vito obviously cares what are you talking about no no no, no. i mean no one's gonna care about us sure okay look we had uh, we did a stream with destiny and all of a sudden his entire subreddit fucking cares 
The McChicken is like a normal sized burger with lettuce and chicken. Yeah, there's okay. So in America, the McChicken's small, and then there's a crispy chicken that's like the normal size chicken. So that makes more sense why that costs seven dollars. So to be clear, there was not a giant chicken sandwich at McDonald's that was that cost one dollar ever. So how much? How much, uh, Avi? How much do the normal? Do you have like the little tiny shitty hamburgers at McDonald's? How much do those cost? Uh, Brug for nine months says, "Are you guys enjoying the new influx of DGG subreddits littering your comments and tweets, calling you obsessed when you respond to anything?" Yeah, exactly. That's my point. It's ridiculous to say that like we're obsessed when all these people are like responding to us constantly for unrelated reasons. So, like on anything, I haven't been I haven't been reading the comments, so I don't know if they've been leaving much of comments about it. But they have, yeah, nice. totally. There's a they've concocted a narrative that allows mm -hmm. them to be correct about right. their conspiracy theory okay. that we're secret Trump supporters. Really? Yeah, that narrative is. They have not called all Trump supporters fascists. And until they do that, they are Trump supporters. Gotcha. Right. Do you want to call all Trump supporters fascists? It doesn't no. seem like high on your priority list. No. To me. I know. Yeah. I'm a secret Trump supporter now. But. Yeah. Look, I think we probably have a lot of people who listen to the show that are right. Trump supporters that are not fascists. Well, I think we do problem. have a few people that listen to our show. Right. That are Trump supporters and fascists. Well, it's funny because, like, if I go on YouTube and one of our clips pops up, you know how it says, like, viewers of this channel also watch this channel? Uh-huh. So we did have, we had a lot of viewers with Destiny, but I don't know if it was one way. Like, I think we have viewers that watch Destiny. I don't think Destiny have viewers that watch us. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm not sure. But Okay. Hmm. Well, we um, did have a lot of people that said, look, I'm done with Destiny after No, that yeah, I know. We definitely had a lot of people. That's what I'm I saying. don't we think a lot it's people... enough to impact Destiny. No, 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 obviously. But I'm saying we had a lot of fans of ours who were like, like, oh, this is gross. But I don't think, I don't know. If, I think it was a one-way relationship. Yeah, we got a super chat from one of them. Yeah. Um, Jackarama for five hours says, as A-team Brigadier General Slacker, I demand more smoking doobie PNGs. Thank you. Thank you. Also, Sitch left out an A-team reign supreme from my last Super Chat on Tuesday. Shh. He does that quite to tell often. Anyone, okay? You're supposed to tell anyone. Meanie. Right. Uh, Joshua, sorry for $10, says, if you think Jamal, Jamal's, I keep saying one Jamal, Jamal's takes were bad here, just read his November 16th, his November 2016 article where he implied there's no such thing as a good Trump voter and equated this election to the Tulsa race riots. Okay, well, I gotta check that out. Okay. Jamel Bowie, November 2016. Can I read Super Chats while you check that out? Um, sure. Donald Trump versus American democracy. Oh my God. Okay, this you know what you know what the name of this article is, Adam? I'm not gonna no. read it because it's so late. The name of the article is White One. Okay. 
We are the subtitle. As in one W O. No, like white one W O N. Yeah, like yeah. the white people won. Yeah, yeah. in regards to Trump winning. And then the subtitle is, we are still the country that produced George Wallace. We are still the country that killed Emmett Till. <laughs> yeah. Look, these are race hustlers. Okay. They this don't, so, they're this conflict was his, entrepreneurs. They do not want peace. Well, I think this was his uh, Lacey Green, Trump won and his brain broke moment. Yeah, everyone was like losing their shit, Trump won. Yeah. So... Of course. Okay. Um, Let's read it on stream next Tuesday. Okay. That's a good We we'll have, look, pandering is not coming on until three. So we have two hours to oh, okay. kill. We can do whatever you want. Gotcha. I'm sure this, the, the, um, Vito Rage Quits video will be out sometime next month. <laughs> Well, now that you've said that, CT is going to make sure it's out tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> um, Sir K, Back thanks so much for joining the Free Will gone. Seekers, Sir K. Oh, Sir K. Good. Uh, it's just Abby for five Aussies says, so I'm not familiar with Eric July, but Vito seems like he's on some kind of crusade against him. I mean, he is. Look, no, Vito is just an innocent party here, okay? He's okay. just, he doesn't want any trouble. He doesn't want to start any drama whatsoever, right? Okay. Although every time I wake up, I see some tweet, look, I'm Vito, I'm in my bathtub, and I just want to say, fuck Eric July. That's basically every other tweet. <laughs> so it's just like, mm. I don't know. This happened, this was the same thing that happened. This came up in our t the t the talk with Destiny, where I was like, all they wanted to do was what aboutism? What aboutism? What about them? They like to look to call everyone groomers. What about them? 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 Mm -hmm. Right. And I said, look, feuds end when somebody decides. You know, I'm not going to retaliate this time. Right. I mean that that's how all feuds have to end. Correct. Sure. Somebody says, look, I'm not going to retaliate. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Who do you think is going to stop in the Eric July veto retaliation cycle? I'm assuming neither of them. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but why is it? But then that's not, that's not, you can't just say it's just Vito's fault then at that point. Right. Right. It takes Tango. Well, this is, this is the point that I was trying to make about escalation. Right. Because... It's, there are certain points when you can say, okay, let's, I'm not going to retaliate, right? Right. But there is a point of no return. <laughs> of course. There's, there is a point when you're like, okay, no one can, everyone is forced by circumstance to retaliate. Yeah, but so, okay, I don't want to rehash the conversation. Right. I know. Cause you just, I know you're just arguing against that position. It's just a different. Well, no, because to me, the re, to me, the Eric July threatening the lawsuit is a massive ex, um, escalation. Escalation, yes. Okay. Uh, Lucy Lemonbug for five gifted memberships. Thank you so much, Lucy yeah, Lemonbug, for the five gifted subs. It almost, almost makes me want to forgive you for being a dirty, dirty sticker. Right. Also known as a chopper. 
Uh, form 4L17Y. For 11 months, thank you. It says, Dick and Vito pirated Isom 1 and lied about story points. Eric proved it on stream. Ooh, interesting. Did he really? Interesting. It seems like this drama went back pretty significantly back and forth. So... A key turn. I, I mean, I remember the yellow flash stream where Vito was invited on, and the tenor of that stream made me think, you know, Vito is really delusional if he thinks he was being invited on these streams because it was mm -hmm. like they were like, fuck Vito, we're just inviting him on to defend himself. Right. And uh, he said things that I thought, okay, it seems like Vito is reasonable. He understands. You know, he fucked up with the whole cuties thing and he soiled his reputation. He's trying to reclaim his reputation. He's going to stop doing stupid things. Right. And uh, then even Dick Masterson went on and Dick Masterson tried to have an interaction with Eric July that seemed like it was going to bury the hatchet. And I felt like after that stream, I was like, okay, look, this they've settled it now. The drama is over. And then the next day, I saw on Twitter <laughs> more escalation. Then we, I, we, talked about, we talked about this when he was on yeah. the first time. I don't remember what the response was, but. I uh, think he, they were just, they're escalating it. Look, right. I, I just don't want to get caught up in this drama. That's my whole thing. So. Okay. Well, if you don't want to get caught in the drama, just say so. We don't have to talk about it. Well, it's too late for that. I don't think we're going to get caught up in the drama. Okay. I mean, I feel like is 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 if J Mac's not in the chat, I'll bet you. But J Mac will make it like bet more money. Okay. I mean, because I would like if you want to talk about continued escalation, like if they were able to bury some kind of hatchet and then immediately turn around and start up the next day, then obviously I would agree that they're shitty in that way, in that regard, if that was the case. Yeah. I just don't think it'd be make them responsible for the action of this person. But Look, when I tweet about DDG, I know that I'm perpetuating it, but I'm doing it in a, I think, innocuous kind of way. Mm -hmm. So... I just think it's it's I don't kind of, I think you're doing something very similar, which is why I'm kind of surprised by your stance on this. So really? Yes. Hmm. It's not as obviously it's not as anywhere near as aggressive as Vito would be. Do you think someone's gonna drop a lawsuit on us? No, 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 no. I'm just saying in terms of like keeping the drama roiling. This is such low-stakes drama compared to what's going on it, between I Vito don't, and Eric I agree July. with you. I agree with yeah. you, but that wasn't my point. So. Okay. Well, I think the stakes are important, obviously. Okay. Massively important. Like, if we were around the same stakes as Vito, I would yeah. not be tweeting that shit about DGG. Yeah, obviously, if we were going to be someone threatening to sue us. Yeah, of course. Everything. Sure. Changes the entire dynamic. Or if we had some crazy fans doing some crazy shit, yeah, sure. Yeah, of course. I wouldn't be encouraging that shit, obviously. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't see this. I wish I was soon as I would ask Vito. And so maybe I'll send Vito this message because I'm curious to answer this. Insensitive for $20, thank you. Says Vito was that email you published on Twitter where you contacted CBFC 
under the same alias that the fan that contacted Isom under just happenstance. Yeah, so I don't, the, right. I don't trust Vito as a reliable protagonist at all. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Do you? Uh. Yes, I trust okay. him more than you trust him. I mean, Vito, this is, I'll tell you why I, I, I trust Vito to some extent. He's a person who's so not afraid of telling people to fuck off and to voice his opinion. I don't see why he would lie about this. Like, I feel like if he did send this email, he would just say he did it and tell them to fuck off. It's fine for him to do it. I don't know if he would try to hide his involvement. That'd be my inclination. If you ask me to just guess based on what I know about Vito, that's what would be my guess. I think <laughs> I think Vito has the same position as Dick Masterson. Mm -hmm. And is well, yeah. claiming he has a different position, even though his position is exactly the same on the fan. Look, I, I just I fundamentally disagree with you. So that he's ramping up people doing this. Well, look, I I think I said something to the effect of, you know, I would feel some level of guilt if our fans were doing this, and I think he um, tried to mirror that position. And I don't I don't know that that's the case. Yeah. Someone sent this. This. What are they referring to? Question mark. Yeah, insensitive says it correct here. He says because if he tells the truth, there's legal repercussions. Well, I don't know if there are legal repercussions, but just. Well, I mean, okay, so it's possible you could say. Even though now he's confident that there's no legal repercussions, originally he was not confident, so he would lie and then say he didn't send the letter. And now that he's, and then he would have to be locked, he would be locked the, into that lie, yeah, right? Exactly. Right. You could say that. You, I mean, it's definitely possible. I'm not saying 100. percent I'm just saying if you if you were to say Sitch, give your best guess. Do you think he sent the letter or not? I'm guessing probably not, based on what I know. Now I sent Vito the DM, so I'm curious about the responses because if there's some other letter that he for sure sent. Um, and that was the alias he would use. That would obviously be really powerful evidence, right? That mm -hmm. that was his alias, unless he showed that letter on his show and someone just aped it from that. But, but anyway, I was more interested in trying to figure out, which I guess you're not interested in, was more interested in just trying to figure out, you know, do I think Vito and Dick Masterson are creating an environment that would incentivize fans to engage in this behavior? That's what I was trying I to do. I don't know. I don't watch enough of their content to, well, be, I don't able either, to, but to be able people, to determine that. People are sort of going through this with a fine-tuned comb. I would think they'd have that information. That was the case. Uh, dumb username for two Aussie bucks says, Vito and Dick are not suing Eric. Just a reminder. And dumb username for another $2 says, Garfield makes $1 billion a year and Garfield sucks. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. Yeah. And Scott Adams is jealous as fuck about it. You think you think Scott Adams is jealous of Garfield? Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, he makes a shit ton of money. 
Or he's made. Here, looks like he made a shit ton of money. <laughs> Not anymore. I'm sure he's. I mean, he's very wealthy. I don't know if he was upset about Garfield. Mm-hmm. No. Why do you think he was jealous about Garfield? Garfield's more popular. Okay. I mean, if you'd be jealous, he's a status whore. Be jealous of Calvin and Hobbes. That was like the top tier comic that will never be surpassed, probably ever. So, but Garfield's the one that's always being thrown in his face. That's true. That would be annoying because I think to me it would be annoying because I think Garfield is such a lower quality than Dilbert ever was. I mean, Dilbert had a lot of misses, but like Dilbert was funny, you know, sometimes. <laughs> Garfield was like always dog shit. Uh, dumb username for another $2 says, yeah, but Vito defended cuties. Cockmate. There you go. I was, if we had more time, I was curious to hear. I, I know he had some defense of cuties, so. Which obviously I made a whole video shitting on. Uh, insensitive for five dollars says Vito has swapped from a non-aggressive stance to a defensive aggro stance, and all he had to do was talk to Sitch and Adam. Yeah, I do applaud you, Adam, for for dragging out some very good content from Vito in that conversation. What was a? Uh, I was somebody's ranting at me on Twitter. What was the? Uh, oh, the, super chat that we got Vito from being non-aggressive to hyper defensive aggressive. I said, so I congratulated you on you dragging out that content for Vito for the clip. Yeah, well, I mean, I wish I could have kept my cool more, but I was being two on one. So there you go. There was a two v one. Well, I, no, but th- we should put that in the title. Adam two v one Sitch and Vito. I thought you were going to say uh, Vito rage quits from conversation. Well, it's I think Adam two v ones. Yeah, Sitch and Vito. Mm-hmm. Vito Rage Quits is the perfect title. Okay. But I can't do that because my... Mm-hmm. I don't want to... Look. You don't want to be debating on Vito's side. I mean, I'm not... I'm more... I feel like I'm more on a fact-finding mission. But I guess I am more on Vito's side. Currently. You are. 100% I'm, I'm on Vito's more side. more on Vito's side in the conflict. Everybody, yes, everybody's going to sense that yep. immediately. There's going to be a million comments about it. I am more, I'm, I'm much going more to read all of those side, comments. Yes. You read yeah. all those comments. Yeah. Okay. I am much more on Vito's side currently. I could definitely... Right. Now, I don't really have a dog in the fight. I don't know... I've never... I don't think ever seen any of Eric July's content outside of the one video where he talked about this. I have zero feelings about Eric July to draw from. So, yeah. Uh, D for five R says calling Vito a comedian is like calling Mr. Girl one. Vito is just a whale that lives off conflict. Wow. Wow. That's your teammate. There you go. Um, Fondue for two dollars says nice two minute conversation, guys. Good night. That was. There was fondues. I'm out of here. <laughs> um, Eleven fourteen p.m. I just I don't look. The thing that triggered me was this. Oh, I'm just look. I don't want drama here. I'm just I don't care. I'm not trying to start anything. Bull fucking shit, Vito. Look, I'll bring up a tweet right now. Of Vito in his bathtub flipping off Eric July. 
if you're doing a video from your bathtub like nude and you're flipping a dude off like you're trying to start drama there's mm -hmm. you just can't say oh look i'm just innocent here <laughs> that's comedy what happened sitch oh he he responded to the, the thing what did he say what, what, what did you ask okay. him? What was I response? sent him insensitive super chat. Insensitive said, Vito, was that email you published on Twitter where you contacted where you contacted CBFC under the same alias? Mm -hmm. right. He said, um, so insensitive said, Vito, was that email that you published on Twitter where you contacted CBFC under the same alias? at the fan that contacted Isom under just happenstance. And then Vito responded saying, the fan sent a letter to comic book charity. We put on the show, which he already talked about. No way he'd, he'd do super stuff later. This was the same fan? Yes. But insensitive, so okay, so I'm confused because insensitive, you made it sound like your super chat made it sound like you're saying Vito contacted CBFC. Um, and Vito is saying no, he just showed the email of the other of the another person sending the chat. I mean sending the letter. You understand? Look, we get we does get that a make lot sense? Of is it wait, wait well, let me make sure. Does that make sense insensitive? He said he said that the email that you're talking about, okay. So, so is that is that the email you're talking about? Insensitive? Not it's so Vito didn't send it. That was the one. Or we don't we don't know if Vito sent it. That's just the, he's saying that that was sent originally by the same guy that did this. He claimed it was him in the tweet. Oh, do you have that tweet somewhere? Or is that the we thing that we're talking about here, where they said we sent this? Okay, that is what we talked about. Okay, All right. I, I don't care dead anymore. air here. What are we okay. doing? Okay. Well, you can read these. Jesus Christ. Daniel Irish oh, for two, right. for $20 says Adam is spot on with Vito's jealousy. Him constantly bring up the money is the giveaway. Now, why would I want to read that while you're reading other shit online? I want you to respond to that. <clears throat> I disagree. That's your response? I completely disagree. Oh, okay. I said why well, I thought he'd bring up the money. He's trying to, to set up, look, he's a big, powerful person. I'm not. He's there in the wrong. He has the power in the situation. I'm not. So, therefore, he should ignore me. That was why he was bringing it up. Many times he has said that he finds it revolting that Eric July is trying to say, look, I'm the voice of the new comic industry, the rebel independent comic industry. And Vito is offended by that because he's like, he doesn't think his comic is any good. He, does, okay. he doesn't deserve the right to claim that mantle. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what that has to do with, with being jealous, but... Okay. okay, and since it was time about the Wii thing, I understand. Okay. Anyway, D for $5 says, Vito is always getting nipped at by people, but he only cares because the dude has more money. 
than nobodies online that just hate him like I do. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Twitter sucks. Thanks so much, Twitter sucks for twenty dollars. Says as someone who's been a Star Wars fan since I watched the series on fucking VHS. I'm sorry that I enjoyed watching magical space wizards fight for three movies. I didn't care for most of the story. Still enjoyed it. There you Good go. Good for you. Um, dumb username five Aussie Buck says, "Have you two read Isom? And what are your favorite parts?" I have not. No. I haven't read Isom. No. I have not read it. I mean, I haven't really planned on reading Isom. No. I haven't either. Zero Smoke for two months says, I was there when Masterson took the first shot at Eric on a Rakeda stream a few months back. Him and Vito have been nonstop sitch, nonstop since Sitch is 100 wrong. Well, there you go. I just, uh, the stuff on Twitter I feel is completely unnecessary. Yeah, Vito keeps saying, well, I have my free speech. I have every single right to do I have every right to be an asshole to a guy that I don't like on Twitter. Well, yeah, you do, technically. I mean, sure. I just, I don't understand why that is good for anyone involved. Maybe it is good for Vito. Like I said, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, I don't have access to the back end on his comic okay. campaign. Let's maybe he, he beats up on Eric July and he gets $5,000 in donations from his fans. So then he okay. does have every incentive to do it. Seferic Reaper for $5 says, can't fault creators for fan actions. January 6th, Trump, Epstein. Are you responsible f for your fans? What's the line when you're responsible? Line gets too blurred. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. You, there is a line, and that's what I'm trying to, that's what I was trying to figure out. That's what I was trying to figure out. Yeah. So, uh, Darth, Darth XX360 No Scope for $20. Thank you. Says, I don't get why Adam's spurging out about Vito not de-escalating here. July's thrown his own shade, name-calling, and the quote, I won't debate fat people. So why should Vito be compelled to back down when he believes he's in the right? I'm not, look. My problem is not that Vito is not backing down. My problem is him claiming, oh, I don't want any drama. I'm just, you know, I'm the innocent party here. Because that's a fucking lie. Like, he literally said, I'm going to go to war and fight to the death. So both those statements can't be true, right? You can't right. say, oh, look, I'm not trying to start drama here. You know, I'm trying to de-escalate things. You know, we just, oh, look, we just talked about his comic book. That's it. We weren't, <laughs> we weren't stoking the fires of Mordor here. Look. You're dan look, this happened and you're fucking dancing on his grave. Yes. It, it's just, it's hilarious to me. It's hilarious to me. So look, I'm not saying, Vito, look, Vito, you do whatever you want, okay? Just don't gaslight me into say, thinking that you're doing nothing. I see your Twitter feed. I don't, and what is wrong with me saying that? Rebellion Merc for $5 says, this was an amazing parade of elephants. Thanks for keeping my nights at work interesting. You're welcome. Uh, Stug for Jr. says, we weren't supposed to send you more dog shit. <laughs> there you go. Stug, I hope you did send you more dog shit. Uh, Stug is based. It's just Abby for five Aussie bucks says, this beef between Vito and Eric July clearly clearly has nothing to do with the comic or the quality of the comic. It's petty drama. 100% true. Yeah. Uh, CT for two Canadians says, clip it? Question mark. We clip it? Yeah, clip it. 
And then CT for another two Canadian says, Clips. There you go. Stop giving us money, CT. We're supposed to give you money. Okay. Yeah, what's going on here? Stop it. Twitter sucks for $5 says, I'm sorry, but if you label your entire personality around one streamer, you should take your meds. Touch grass losers. I agree completely. Completely. Well, I yeah. hope that's not about us. I hope it's about no, I think it's about Eric July. I think it's about Dustin. Oh, it's a, yeah, the people that are yeah. commenting on our, our stuff. That sort of sucks for another five dollars. Says <laughs> I don't know if I should read this. Mm-hmm. Um, Twitter sucks for another five dollars. Says quote Sitch say Vito shut up so it can be clipped. End quote Keck. There you go. Why don't would that? that- don't put that in the clip CT. Why would that be a thing? There you go. Rico Zora for five dollars says Adam, don't apologize to Vito. A team reigns supreme. supreme. That's Adam right. Never look, apologizes to anyone. Why would he? I'm apologize not gonna to Vito? look. I don't think Vito is going to be asking me for an apology. Okay? No, yeah, I don't. Sure. He rage quit because I wasn't going to take his side. He was like, "Look, Sitch is taking my side." Why aren't you? Well, I think he raged quick because he thought your argument was silly. Well, I mean, the Which responsibility. You disagree with, but yeah, the responsibility thing. He he wants to say that he has zero responsibility, zero culpabilities. He he did nothing. Not his actions didn't influence the situation at all. I mean, and you want to have a legalistic conversation about whether or not he's legally culpable. Well, I morally, was talking about morally culpable. Yes. Well, or what whatever. else are we talking about then? I just, I don't give a fuck about okay. any of that stuff. Well, okay. His actions yes. had consequences here that I just, I don't think you can say, oh, look, I'm completely, nothing I did had any influence on this situation, which is the, what the claim that he wants to make. Okay. I think that's I disagree with you, but I don't point. want to keep arguing this. Right. Because I'm hungry. I'm hungry too. Yes. Yeah. I understand. There. This is going to be like, but Adam, d- does that mean you're responsible for your fans? Well, I feel but to some Adam. extent I am. Yes, I do feel responsible for my fans. Okay. So yeah. Um, I see. I think a lot about my behavior, so I don't encourage my fans to do f- fucked up shit. I would feel horrible if my fans did fucked up shit. I As think Sitch our... would feel horrible if our fans did fucked up shit. True. Even though he would be able to make a completely logical claim about how it wasn't either of our faults. Well, it depends on what we said and what they did. It could have been a miscommunication. Um, a lot of fucked up shit happens because of miscommunication. Okay. Asif Artsy for five dollars says this super chat is to CT, who not only manages to edit clips that make Sitch and Adam look as presentable as possible, but he also drew amazing drawings for my com my new book. Yeah, we showed those. I don't know. Yeah, we did. You must have missed it, Asif. We brought up the um, CT drew some great illustrations uh, for your children's book. That was like the little kid playing with the blocks and all that stuff. But yeah, they're great. Good job, CT. 
Uh, Dr. Dealer for $2 says, Sitch was on EFAP. He mentioned me on EFAP. I was mentally projecting rigs when he did. Ergo, add procto, add, ha- add infinitum, postmortem, add and subtract. Rigs was on EFAP. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. How is that go. we got him? They got, they got rigs on EFAP. What do you mean? Oh, nice. Were they trying to do that? Success. Yeah. There you go. Success. Based success. Good Nothing job. better. Uh, Dill's Elephant Pheromones for $2 says, You see, Adam, when new guests come onto the show, they got one big whiff of your stank <laughs> from your shirt, and they come to the conclusion that they're not compatible with your team. S-Class, however, smells of radiating voluptuousness. <laughs> True. Uh, Dr. Dill for another $2 says, Ask these anti-hierarchy of oppression people if they oppose all hierarchies, and if so... If that includes things like society oppressing pedos and serial killers, if not, make them explain why some oppression is good, actually. Mm, that's interesting. Dr. Zilfernow $2 says, if they're going to take the position that some oppression is good, which they already believe but won't admit, they can't run back to their mod of idealistic bullshit and becomes a discussion of values. That's true. That's true. Uh, Salt Road for $2 says, I appreciate the flattery, but I have a single artistic bone in my body. What? No, I did not draw Sitch's mugshot. A secret inside source sent it to me. This is what you get for interfering in Chopstick v-, v Fork election poll. Wait a minute. Okay. Okay. Who drew that picture? Who drew that picture? Hmm. Who did it? Pass up. Who drew the mugshot? I want to know. I can't tell from the art style. I'll have to look at it again. We're going to get the bottom of this. They're going to be held responsible. Sotos for $2 says, Science is trying to go too far and the institution must be torn down. As we speak, they are trying to use sonar, infrared, and all their scanners on Lake Loch Ness to find evidence of old Nessie. Nessie before science, I say. True. Uh, Vosh for two dollars, the real Vosh says, Oh, oh, I caught the ugly. Wow, terrible. Uh, oh. your friendly FBI agent for two dollars says, Sitch, my man, I caught you arguing with that long man about the movie Interstellar. Did you do that on EFAP? Well, that didn't happen because I've never actually seen Interstellar, so yeah. Well, the FBI has some bad sources. The boys and I could try our hand at disappearing that Eldrick wrongthinker. Never vanished a god before, but there's always a first. No, well, first of all, that must have been someone else because I'd never actually seen Interstellar. Um, but thank you for the uh, offer. But no, I like Mahler, so you can leave Mahler right where he is. He's a fellow person of shadow, even if he dares try to ad hominem saying that I have bad media criticism and takes, which is objectively false. My criticisms are based and always correct. Uh, CT for two Canadians says, I'm too tired to try to be funny or creative. Hope everyone had fun. Smiley face. I We did. all had fun. We all had fun. Yes. Of course. <laughs> Why don't laugh. <laughs> Uh, Twitter sucks for five dollars. Says if in all of your videos you o- you have only said quote 
I don't think I should read this for four super chats. I am two of those super chats now. <laughs> LMAO. Oh, congratulations, Twitter sucks. That was pretty good. You Twitter sucks is sending a lot of super chats. So thanks, man. That's true. Executive producer of the show here. Yeah, that's why he's our surrogate god uncle. Yeah, keeping Twitter us alive. Sucks. I don't look. I people are talking about some veto tweet, and I just. I don't know what it means or <laughs> Wait, like, the one that you linked i'm just exhausted on this topic oh i don't oh this look... is the we this is the this is the, the we asked the charity tweet that's where he said that they were used the we in the the royal sense i don't want to be a private investigator for veto i don't want to be gotcha. a private investigator for eric july I think these gotcha. people can get together and murder each other. <laughs> like, I fucking don't care. Right. Yeah. Okay. I don't care. Well, our, listen. Our position is going to be construed in, you guys are anti-free speech. Oh, my God. Already, like, people in the chat are saying, you sound like social justice warriors. Oh, my God. When I just, you guys. We have, different, we have different positions on it. Yeah. Listen, I'm Look, sure there's going to be people saying that you sound woke, and there's people who are saying, oh my God, how can you defend Vito Sitch? Yeah, that's, that's exactly. Well, lose, have lose. Everyone hate one of us, okay? Everyone's going to hate both of us, though. Right. Different people there you are going to hate us for different reasons, and it's going to be everyone hating us. And it's just stupid because just no reason for us to be involved in this drama. Okay. Zero reason. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Twitter sucks for five dollars says, and all of you. Oh, I read the one. Uh, Seraphic Reaper for five dollars says, any chance to get you guys to moderate me and a lefty on trans or vax issues? Price question mark preferred means of contact the setup. I mean, I'm only really interested in moderating other people's debates. Unless they're like big time streamers or something <laughs> that are going to benefit us in a very selfish way. So, who who is it? Some I mean, if it's some big person you want to debate and they're down to do it, but then I mean, we would just debate them, right? So probably not. Probably not seraphic, but mm -hmm. well, somebody was offering to wanted to debate on our platform. Is that what the thing was? It said, do you want any chance that we would moderate them talking to some lefty about a different issue? Yeah, probably not. Right. Probably not. Uh, that's it. Wow. This was exhausting. Did we make it 12 hours? Look, Almost. I don't feel like it's a real live stream. 11 hours and 17 minutes. I don't know why, but everyone is always like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. feels like it's five minutes every time every time right i do you disagree what i didn't i was listening to what you said okay <laughs> what do you, you feel what like what's every time when, when we say it, something's gonna be five minutes and it's like an hour mm -hmm. yeah yeah what, but what it was good reading? content what's the problem what are you reading uh what, what were twitter. you distracted by the twitter that you linked tweet okay. that you linked. oh you looked it up i looked it up 
look, you're interested now. You're like, wait a second. Just because Adam doesn't want to be a detective doesn't mean Sitch doesn't want to be a detective. Right. Sitch wants to get to the bottom of the controversy. Well, I want to make sure I have an informed position on something. You do not. This is one species wow. all over again. Wow. Listen to this fucking guy. He drops that and then he plays the harmonica. Yeah, okay. Listen. Tell him, tell him, look, tell him, we got, we got a good 10 minutes, 20 minutes left here. Tell him what the one species situation was. Give him the, drop, drop that knowledge bomb on him. The one, everyone knows, what do you mean? One species was, one species came on and he started attacking no bullshit. Right. And being and, a secret And you defended racist. no bullshit. And I defended no bullshit. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. That is not accurate okay right. you know you can disagree with his politics but he's not a secret racist and then no and then one species said i will show you a bunch of information that changes your mind and i said okay send it to me and you know what he actually did it and he sent me the receipts and i went holy shit <laughs> maybe no, maybe this is true and then that's when the famous uh no bullshit stream happened where a very perfect David Aragon picture of me chasing after him with all the receipts and him running away and saying debate is gay and asking if I was white or Jewish first came from. But see, I don't know why I christened that, Adam. That stream was like gold. Everyone loved that stream. Except for you. Not you everyone. You were very upset by that stream. Not everyone. You didn't like that stream. It's going to be Brooks, completely different this time, though, because when Vito like comes stream. on and you yeah. put the thumb screws to Vito because yeah. you found out like he's lying about this or that, mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to love every moment of it. There you go. See, you'll love it. See, what are you complaining about? This is a perfect. Vito's setup not going to come on. Vito's only going to come on when you don't know shit. As soon as you okay. know enough to nail okay. him to the wall, he's going to be like, "No, nope, see ya, sucker, mm -hmm. okay. sucker, I'm on to troll the next person." Anyways, thank you all for coming. Thank you all for your incredibly generous donations. Uh, thank you, Coleman Hughes, for having your very good debate with Jamel Bowie and annihilating him in the arena. And thank you, you who made to the end of the stream, you are the true fans. You are the true free will seekers. And all the people saying dude in the chat, thank you for being with us for so long that you know the dude reference. And we'll see you all on Tuesday for what I'm sure will be a very calm, very intelligent, very collaborative, completely no yelling conversation with pondering politics. Bye bye. A <laughs> oh, woo woo.